not made of stone. And I have just listened to you say that 638 times. P.S. <laughs> doesn't want to take her clothes off in front of us. I'm Lady Chi and scathed is not a word. Chi, stop breathing! Of the peons, who wants to be me? This is so sad. I feel like I'm the guy who no one wants. Don't make me assign someone to be me. I'll be, I'll be Ryan. Mm-hmm. I've been, like, snorting dicks all day. You know you're not supposed to put this stuff in your nostrils? <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing that all week. Am I going to die? For June 16th, 2009, sit back, relax, and listen to the longest story ever told. So run the next time you're... Feeling jealous of me Cause I'm so famous And awesome at Quidditch Just remember that time That we took you to Slughorn's office And you nearly drank yourself to death But I saved your Welcome back to Partific Weekly. I'm Ryan. This is Jim. I'm Lady Chi. I'm Meg, defending Ron, one podcast at a time. Wow. I'm Robert <laughs> from Spellcast. I'm Julia. Mazel tov, everyone. Can I ask a plot question? No, no, you can't. Because There's no Mike, plot. Because, Mike, we have a question for you. You've read all ten chapters? Uh, yes, I did tonight. Okay. What do you think happened? Yeah. <laughs> Poor well, Mike. Well, I mean, like, relationship-wise, like, who was supposed to... It seemed like it was supposed to be right. Draco, Hermione, and Ginny all were after Harry, and he's kind of like... He doesn't want them all because they had the bet the naked Quidditch match, which makes Draco, Ginny, and Hermione all sort of start chasing him, trying to blackmail him. <laughs> and then you have like the thing with Voldemort. I going snorted. On. I have to mute. Wait a minute. Are you being se- you're not you're not being serious right now? Yeah, no, wait. Hermione blackmails him with naked pictures, right? Ginny's trying to blackmail <laughs> Harry. Hold on, was Draco even in the fic? Yeah, he he fondling Harry when they're. <laughs> Right? Yeah, you, Mike? I thought he. Oh my God! We're making this a regular segment. It's really good. Season two. Ask Mike. Well, anyway, I guess Hermione and Ginny then are chasing after Harry. No, 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 Hermione. Hermione, Hermione. Oh wait, is it, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> I missed something key there. Okay, Mike. I have a question. <laughs> Do you gleam over the words, or do you... No, I read this twice. Really? This is one that comes from McGonagall, and I can just picture McGonagall. Given the fact jock cups cannot be used in this game as per the restrictions of a naked Quidditch challenge, any male student who wishes to learn of a genitalia protection spell may come to my office in confidence. (laughs) Can you imagine what McGonagall to all Gryffindors from Dean Thomas regarding play ball. Hope everyone is set for the game. I know our team is ready to bedazzle the school with what Gryffindor is made of. Let's get down there and show our support. <laughs> girls, do the boys a favor and try not to giggle. Boys, do the girls a favor and don't drool at the femmes of our team. Let's show the Slytherins that what's going on in the game has more to do with snitches, bludgers, and whatnot than with breasts and balls. Dean. <laughs> to Dean Thomas from Minerva McGonagall, deputy headmistress, regarding play ball. How utterly inspiring, Mr. Thomas. See me after the game, Minerva McGonagall, deputy headmistress. <laughs> Melinda, by the way, went away with her family on vacation, read this at the pool, and her six-year-old's like, Mommy, what are you reading? Um, nothing. 
Why do you keep laughing? What's so funny? Nothing. Nothing. Can we just talk about Lucius signing his emails? Lucky. I love Bellatrix's email where it's at Azkaban. Bellatrix's rage at Azkaban. Damn it, Harry. Did you have to send out that ML glorifying your endowment? Hermione took her down to the infirmary. She was foaming at the mouth and wouldn't let go of a printout of that ML and a measuring tape. This is all your fault, Fred George. Wait till Mom finds out. And Harry, stay away from my little sister. Ron. <laughs> to Gryffindor Quidditch teammates from Dread and Forge Weasley regarding game next week. Oy. Okay. So we're all playing Starkling and all hang out. Exposing our bits. Flaunting our glory. Just to ensure that that we put those slithering gits to shame. Anyone needing an enhancement potion should let us know well before the game. We'll need a night off and some practice to use to the new balls, if you know what we're meaning. <laughs> For some reason, I zoned out like two minutes. <laughs> She's like staring at the button plants. And Maybe it's the rump. No, I was staring at 13.2842 centimeters She listens to me. Centimeters. Cent oh, centimeters. Oh. Maybe that's yeah. why Ginny was catatonic. She didn't realize it was metric. This is like PS writing tonight. PS, you want a podcast? I need to get a dink first. <laughs> Mike, you didn't think it was Harry Charlie? Harry, Harry tells Charlie he loves him. I love That's you, man. True. I don't know. I didn't pick up on that one. Now that you mention it, though. To Harry Do you know from Oliver Wood. R.E. Starseekers. I'm appalled to say this, but concede the game. The idiot duo <laughs> has definitely gone too far this time. Do you know, it took me three hours to get into my flat yesterday. Three hours. And that's from the curb to the front door. Women were mauling me, all wanting to play with the bigger staff. <laughs> testicles are bruised, and I probably won't be able to have children. To Melba's Dumbledore, from Minerva McGoggle, Deputy Administrator. Of course they're not going into the Forbidden Forest, you get. They're not playing in the book. They dare to play Starkers, naked, nude. <laughs> Buff. Yeah, he thought okay. she said the bluff. He's bluff. not man. To Minerva McGonagall from Elvis Dumbledore. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like so many conversations that I've had with Ryan. That doesn't seem to be a problem. No. Serious ass Remus if it's his time of the month. Uh, I've learned never to ask that question. <laughs> to Gryffindor Tower from Harry Potter regarding my beloved fan club. Given the unlicensed aspect of this, plus the fact that I have a mind it is needful to point out that without my express consent, this is a form of assault. Ah, damn you all! Everyone signs with their initials. I never realized Peter Pettigrew was PP because I listened to it. <laughs> it's like, I will do what you say, PP. I'm like, <laughs> I think I saw a bad, bad Monday Mort. I did, I did, I did see a bad, bad Monday Mort. <laughs> oh, this is so much funnier after Deathly Hollows when he's like the most pathetic villain ever. You have one hour. <laughs> was I really, the, I know I make fun of that, but was I really the only one thinking that when they were reading this? Did you just give them an hour? Like, why are you giving them this much time? You are, They're out man and out, I don't know. Let's not go into that. From Harry to Ginny talking about mocking Voldemort he says I did why what's the worst he can do jump up and down freaking kill him kill him <laughs> next messages from Voldemort to Lucius and it says Malfoy kill him kill him <laughs> I mean, yeah. Voldemort riding around with this pale blue nightgown on <laughs> 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 
Tommy. To bother from Lord Voldemort, not Tommy, regarding minions. Are you threatening me, Elvie? To Ginny from Hermione Granger. Ginny, do you mind? That's one of my best friends you're mentally molesting. I feel rightly nauseous. Okay, Mike, did you catch that one? I, I was I was reading it differently. <laughs> I was thinking like she's like fighting with Ginny over Harry and trying to like mark See, that's her territory. <laughs> Ginny marks her territory. Your sister is a dangerous woman. Please note, she founded a very large, unauthorized fan club. She proposed and found ways and people to prepare a calendar with images from the bloody game against Slytherin. You know, the one I have to practice around naked in? The woman would jump my bones if I were not keeping watch out for my own safety. Somehow, I don't think I'm the predator here. <laughs> it's about time somebody said that to Ron. <laughs> I love this one. Okay, now, Mike, pay attention. You remember that whole Harry Hermione theme you saw layered through these chapters? Yes. To Hermione Granger Weasley from Harry Potter. <laughs> CC Ginny Weasley regarding those damn pictures. And I love the way it's ended with, I mocked Voldemort, ask me how. Oh, I, just, I just like his new title, CEW, Moldy Mort Incorporated, a new division of Potter Enterprise World Rock. <laughs> <laughs> to Fred and George Weasley from Albus Dumbledore Headmaster regarding Voldemort robes. Mrs. Weasley, could I please request an additional 300 units of your excellent robes? Please send the invoice to the Registrar, Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. I will need the robes in the following sizes, blah, blah, blah. Yours. Thank you kindly, Albus Dumbledore. <laughs> to Albus Dumbledore Headmaster from Gretchen Ford regarding Voldemort robes. Sir, inasmuch as we would like to take credit for this ingenious idea, I'm afraid they are not of our product line. Our traitorous little sister is one of the most unholy and evil alliance of the boy who mocked Voldemort. We will, of course, forward your request to the evil duo. Regards, little credit for Weasley. <laughs> to Minerva McGonagall, Deputy Headmistress from Albus Dumbledore, Headmaster. Oh, come on now, my dear McGonagall. What is the absolute worst Voldemort could do? Jump up and down, shrieking, kill them? Kill them? <laughs> Besides, they are a snazzy-looking item. I'm quite taken with the ropes. They make a statement about Voldemort that empowers people against him. Albus. To Albus Dumbledore from Severus Snape. The old boy is definitely off his rocker. He spent most of the meeting jumping up and down and shrieking, kill them, kill them. <laughs> <laughs> to Ron Weasley from Harry Potter regarding things. You get, we've talked about this before, I sleep in the bloody same dorm as you. Why are you emailing me about all this? Harry Potter, I'm Mark Voldemort. Ask me how. To Mooney from Snuffles, CC Harry Potter, re PMS much. Mike, learn from me. Don't comment. Don't comment. I'm not saying a word. There you go. Mike's afraid to talk. Wait, Ryan, he thinks scarier. This Voldemort or your one-hour Voldemort? I don't think either of them is particularly scary. <laughs> I love this. There once was a stinker named Voldy. His breath had smelled kind of moldy. He's oh so greedy, he's tried to kill me, but failed because his head is so holy. To Ginny Weasley from your mother regarding Jelly Prophet. Ginny, hi, dear. I hope you're doing well. How are your classes? Things have certainly been busy around here. I scarcely got time to sit down and read the Prophet in the morning over a cuppa. Somehow, however, I do find time. Time. In fact, just this morning I read a fascinating article in the Department about the Harry 2003 calendar. It's so nice to see all the serious effort you kids are putting into making it a glassy affair. And I think it's wonderful that Harry's giving all that money to the St. Mungo's Victims Unit. However, the article seems to have made an innocent gaffe. Apparently, you were going to the shoot as Harry's girlfriend. Isn't that funny? And if a single pleasure heads Harry's way, as directed by any one of my siblings, I'll make your life a living hell. First, with a conversation with Mum, and then, in usual Weasley style, 
Apparently, the corrective potion for your little problem gave you some big brassy balls. Those <laughs> shouldn't be removed surgically. Ever your loving and vengeful sister. <laughs> That's the only time we're ever going to hear Melinda Leo say big brassy balls. <laughs> balls. <laughs> to Lord Voldemort from Harry Potter. Hey, Tom. Haven't heard from you today. Hope you're keeping okay. How are my Death Eaters? I've got a big match to play today, but I intend to come down with my second command to inspect the troops. Just to keep you up to date on my modus operandi, I take over the ministry and prison all opponents. That's you, Tom. Insert my new world order. Please insert the physical exercise regimen for the troops. I'd like to IQ testing done. I need people with quick reflexes and quicker wits. All the others will join you in Azkaban. Hugs and kisses, Harry. <laughs> to Lucius Malvoy from the Dark Lord of Sith. <laughs> To Lord Voldemort from Lucius Malfoy. Master, I have made some inquiries with regards to the legal ramifications. We could put a block on any future merchandise sales, but to do this, you must not kill off the lawyers. To Albus Dumbledore Headmaster from Ginny Weasley regarding Lord Voldemort attachment, mock ad zip 100k. <laughs> Professor, have you developed and marketed recent inspirational materials? <laughs> Multi, multi-mort robes and their newest product, Mockeries of a Dark Lord, due for release in hardcover next month. We've received many threats from Lord Voldemort while hollow in nature. And really quite trivial. We too believe a potential retaliation of Moldy with his unhygienic death eaters may disrupt the game. Given the passion we Gryffindors have for our sport and our team, I would like to make a few suggestions. Now, this is Ginny telling Dumbledore how to protect people. I would like to make a few suggestions as to how to prevent Moldy from causing any problems. A. about fourth year at this point. Exactly. A perfect display of Moldymart robes would cause him much anguish and frustration, probably throwing him off his game. B. The attached magical slideshow advertised in the upcoming book, Mockeries of a Dark Lord, will also cause him much emotional grief. C. Dragon sweeps. We have three on the premises, so it's like Jimmy's coordinating the dragon defense system. We have three on the premises, complete with trained riders. Sweeps of these creatures will disrupt the magical fields and stability needed for Death Eaters to aberrate with structure. To Harry Potter from Minerva McGonagall regarding calendars. Calendars. Before you investigate the records of sales, I have purchased one of your calendars for my niece. I don't suppose you would be so courteous as to autograph it, would you? To Minerva McGonagall from Harry Potter. Even though a part of my fragile ego cringes at this entire calendar episode, I would be delighted to autograph your copy. I can have it sent to you with the autograph already on it before delivery begins, sparing you and me the embarrassment of tracking me down to sign it. To whom should it be autographed? <laughs> I, thank you for your, I thank you for your consideration. I quite agree that having to get the calendar autographed after delivery would be embarrassing for all parties involved. It should be personalized to Minnie. Minnie? as a kitten are all fine. <laughs> To Harry Potter from Severus Snape, Potions Master, regarding merchandising. Potter, the Dark Lord is hiring a lawyer to block all sales of your product line. FYI, Professor Snape. <laughs> now, okay, now this is Harry Potter in the Hogwarts years with Voldemort out there, okay? Angst, girls, puberty, <laughs> hormones, weird feelings when you're sleeping. Okay. To Ginny from Harry, CC Severus Snape. Ginny, I've contacted legal. They are pretty sure we can counter any block Voldemort tries to put into place. They recommend, however, we avoid any physical characterizations of old Tom and ensure that we do not list Lord Voldemort by any name by name in any of our reproductions to ensure consistency. To Lord Voldemort from Lucius Malfoy. My lord, the courts have rejected your claim that Voldemort robes are a libelous violation of your civil rights. <laughs> Worse, 
This live broadcast of the upcoming Gryffindor Slytherin game has indicated that nearly all spectators are planning to wear the robes in support of their hero Potter. Further, the overhead banner of the announcing booth will have promotional material for the robes alongside the naked Quidditch calendars and a new product that I fear will truly not please you. Something called Mockeries of a Dark Lord. Again, the courts claim that you do not have exclusive rights to the praised Dark Lord and it's vague enough term for any history's predominant dark wizards. And yes, before you ask, I killed the I have such a dirty mind. This is my favorite exchange in the seventh chapter. To Jenny Weasley from Harry Potter regarding breakfast. Just heading down to the Great Hall in a moment. You want to join me in a bite? To Harry Potter from Jenny Weasley. I'd like some sausage, yes. I see it. I didn't see it at the time. I'll be honest. (laughs) I I was simply going to go, oh, yes. Yes, of course. But if I'm being honest, I didn't see it. He would have seen it and we're all like, Mike, this is a PG-rated story. Draco bought a calendar of naked Harry pictures, and he might grab something in the field. And then he does. Think about what they're concerned that he might grab, okay? Okay. I'm I'm missing something. All right. Okay, so Draco in this story obviously enjoys men of the male persuasion, yes? (laughs) And he has just bought Harry Potter porn, yes? Right, that's what I'm saying. He's after Harry. No. Okay. Okay, <laughs> let's back up here. Okay. If, if he's gay and he's buying Harry Potter porn, does yeah. that mean he has a crush on Harry? Crying. Yes, but he might grab something. <laughs> right, Harry. Ugh, okay. Backing up, backing up, backing up. Oh, right. back please grab Harry at the... Uh... Backing up, backing no. up, backing up. Hold on. Back okay, backing up. Okay. Picture Draco still living at home, okay? All right. <laughs> And he has a, a huge family, lots of cousins, okay? Okay, I, I see. All right. To Draco Malfoy from Daddy regarding today's game. Son, the Dark Lord has snapped. He's completely off his rocker. Looney as they get. Nutters. Just thought I should let you know. He's planning to attack at today's game, and I'm almost certain this will all blow up in our faces. I think it's time for the Malfoy family to switch teams, if you know what I mean. With love, Daddy. Daddy. <laughs> to Minerva oh. McGonagall, Deputy Headmistress from Alvis Dumbledore Headmaster. I am to understand by the glazed look in students' eyes that the calendars are issued promptly this morning. I must admire Weasley and bother for their strategy. Attention on the game today will have been lessened by the presence of this calendar. I have heard from Severus today. He feels Harry and his associates have an unfair advantage. It appears a few members of his Quidditch team have also received copies of the calendar and are incredibly distracted. I agreed to speak to you about postponing the game. Your thoughts, Albus. To Albus, Headmaster from Minerva McGonagall. No way in hell. I want to see my boys at play. Minnie. To Minerva McGonagall, Deputy Headmistress from Albus Dumbledore Headmaster. Minnie, you, gather, out. <laughs> to Albus Dumbledore from Minerva McGonagall. Oh, dear, sorry. Backslid there for a moment. It shan't happen again. All my loyal death beaters from Lord Voldemort. We attack as soon as the balls are in the air. <laughs> to the gang from Vinnie Crab. Master, given the number of balls that will be flying, specific one has to be in the air before we attack Connor. Ladies and gents, what a rare treat. For those of you doubting the return of you-know-who, please take note of the jumping bean lunatic on the field. He was a pathetic sight, all pearly skin, his eyes slits and nose and mere slits. The resemblance to something serpentine was profound. The foam at the corners of the mouth, though. Kill him! Kill him! Kill him! (laughs) I'm done, too. 
I'm P.S. And I'm Keza. And we're Peoncast. <laughs> <laughs> so long. Farewell. Alvitor saying goodnight. Goodbye. That was on the podcast of Doom. Harry is not Chi. Harry is Harry. Lady <laughs> Chi will be playing Meg tonight. I'm not that cuddly. <laughs> I t- Meg told me she was coming back today, and I was very excited. And I told Meg that having her back on the show, and Jen's going to be here in a little bit, too, was going to be like drinking a warm cup of tea. It's finally going to feel like Potterfic Weekly again, like the family's all back. Like one of those reunion episodes of the Cosby show where they're all like, woohoo, everybody's here. It's gonna oh, be I had so a tear. There was a single tear. I'm seriously, Meg, I'm hugging my laptop right now. You're Aww, I'm so happy. <laughs> oh, my God. This is like killing me. I'm drowning in mush. All right, now this is what's happening, everybody. Today is Valentine's Day. I am in Massachusetts. Danielle is in New York City with everybody, Jen. Everybody, moment of moment of mourning for Ryan. Oh, Jen is on a Valentine's date right now with my fiance. I'm in Massachusetts. <laughs> And Danielle is telling Jen things about me, and I don't know what she's telling her, but Jen has not stopped giggling at me all day. Now, I called her this morning. I talked to her this afternoon in the Museum of Natural History. I was like, are you... Museum of National History. Oh, my God, this is like a competition of who loves Jen the most. (laughs) I talked to her last night. Hi, you reached Jennifer's phone. I'm not here right now. I've either lost my phone or it's dead or I just forgot it at home. But anyway, leave a message, and as soon as I find my phone or turn it on or charge it up, I will give you a call back. Bye. Hi, Jen. This is Perfect Weekly. How are you? Hi, Jen. Hi, Jen. <laughs> Jen, we all love you the most. Mike wins because he's flying in to see you. I'm only coming by train. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> Okay, Ryan, yeah, what was, un- what was unfortunate I about like, oh Jen? I terminated the entire podcast. This is Jen. Oh, I thought that was like your message or something. You're like, this oh, is like, Jen speaking. <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> peons. Jen! Hi! Jen! <laughs> All right, now, Jen, I love you dearly. You know that. Me, you and me were close, right? You and me were... were, were yeah, we're, we're tight, buddy. We're, we're very tight. Now, we were tighter before you met Danielle, and she told you everything about me. I can't help but feel. Wait, did Jen just flush a toilet? What is that? we're apologizing. Someone's actually peeing during the podcast. Someone hasn't read my... Someone hasn't read my standards memo, apparently. You have... We have standards... <laughs> All right. It's seriously standard, like somebody flushed the toilet. That was me throwing my keys on the floor. <laughs> Jen, can I call you back? <laughs> Jen, Jen, Jennifer. All right, what? All right. What? Since you and Danielle have spent more than a day together talking oh. about things, yes. you know, just people. Random people, things that you and I. Yeah, no one in particular. No, no one. That you and I aren't quite as tight because, as Danielle put it, she no longer thinks you're as perfect as she thought you were before. May I ask why? Could it possibly um, be because maybe you think that Ryan's a little bit egocentric now? 
No, your place, Chief. Go to your place. I spent a weekend with your fiance. No, you haven't. You got there Wednesday and it's Thursday. Well, yeah, but I'm talking hours spent talking. We've talked a weekend's worth. Yeah, actually, we were up to like one or two in the morning last night talking about you. What did she and- tell you? <laughs> I can't tell you. All I know is that I feel very close to you. Did she tell you about the time she cut off a school bus and thought she was going to jail, so she hid from the cops? Something that you need to tell me. (laughs) (laughs) There's evidently something about you, like, hiding from a school bus. Does Jen listen to me when I talk this time? Hey, are you talking about me or Danielle? <laughs> never mind. Just never mind. Never mind. Never mind. We'll talk tomorrow night. All right? We'll talk tomorrow night. Hello? Hi, honey. How are you? I'm Capital. We're watching Pride and Prejudice, so I'm Mr. Capital. Oh, good. Evening. A chick flick weekend. I'm so excited. Cupid has joined our forums at the weekend, and Cupid, he looks like Gilderoy Lockhart, and he is going all over the forums telling people to send him valentines, and he will anonymously deliver them to your loved ones on the forum. So I, of course, this morning, I get up, and I have my little, you know, smoking jacket on, and I'm, isn't this romantic? I'm, I'm all in, you know, Valentine's Day regalia, and I sit down at my computer, and I type a very special valentine to my little valentine over here and i send it and i'm so excited i've gotten valentine's day off to a wonderful start now honey you love valentine's day right love's not the word i would use danielle works in a bakery she hates valentine's day to <laughs> so tonight i get home and i'm like honey um i think you need to check your private message box on the forum she's like oh really i'm like yeah she's like all right i'll do that now now, now what was your reaction honey when you read the the, the valentine i had sent you I think it was exactly what the fuck. <laughs> I was like, oh, so basically because I'm nice and I haven't insulted a Hufflepuff directly to their face, I deserve a Valentine ninja hug? They didn't even say who it was from. <laughs> she accused me of sending her a form letter. She says, that's all I'm worth to you. Like, I was very sad. And I'm like, honey, I got up early. This- I may have been a little tired when I sent it, but it came from the heart. And she's like, that's not good enough, damn it. So finally, after trash Crashing me, ripping me apart, saying Jen doesn't like me as much anymore. I'm like thinking I should cancel my weekend trip because this marriage is obviously over. It wasn't the message I sent her. She was reading the Hufflepuff greeting. Yes, she was reading the damn form. Yes, so did I. And Danielle doesn't stop to think that I'm not. Maybe I wouldn't ninja hug her on our on Valentine's Day. It was the only Valentine I had. I didn't know. So I contacted <laughs> Cupid and told Cupid that because of Cupid, my marriage was over, at which point Cupid responded, and I quote, oops. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say that I know beh- who's behind Cupid, and uh-huh. that just makes it so much funnier. <laughs> Mike is my savior. I love you, Mike. Thank you for today. Well, I had fun. It made my day. What the hell did you people do uh, Mike was my on-the-phone tour guide. Like, walking all across, like, make a left here, go two blocks He down. made sure, yeah, he made sure, I would call him and be like, okay, here I am. And he'd go, okay, walk left. <laughs> yeah, <he laughs> go, okay. Jen calls me this morning while I'm in my parking lot at work, oh, driving in I circles. I was 
really cold. Trying to find trying to find a parking space. And she calls me. She's like, Can you guide me? And I'm like, Well, I need to get inside to my computer so I can I can map quest it. Um, can't you find a homeless person and ask them? They probably know everything about the city. Yeah, but, but there was a barking like he clucked at us or something. <laughs> Whenever we both we looked at each other and laughed, he was like or barking. What was he doing? <laughs> I tell Jen that on like a random Tuesday, it was 65 degrees in New York. The next day, I think there was a blizzard there. So the thing you know in New England is be prepared for anything. Now, the other day, I left my house and it was 16 degrees with a wind chill that made it zero out. I didn't have gloves on and my hands literally almost froze as I was scraping the ice off my car. It was freezing outside. Poor, poor thing. It, oh, P.S. is like, I live here too, you freaking idiot. I talked to Jen later that day, and Jen's like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all packed and ready to go. I'm like, what did you pack exactly? She's like, I have all my tank tops, I have my shorts, I have my flip-flops. I'm like, Jen, it's 16 degrees here. She's like, you told me it was 65. I'm like, that was just one day. Because Jen is from a land where it's been 83 degrees since, like, the Hoover administration. It's always the same temperature. So I'm like, Jen, you need to buy a long sleeve short shirt. She's like, they don't sell them. I'm like, what do you mean they don't sell them? <laughs> of course they sell them. Buy a short sleeve shirt, they, a long sleeve shirt. She's like, they don't sell them. So she ransacks her house and she sends me a message saying, I found a sweatshirt with a giant pig on it. I'm like, well, you're going to have to wear the pig outfit to New York. And then she writes, it was a cow. Oh, that was a pig. It's a Oh, it's a cow? Farmyard. It's Farmyard you animal. Pig. I say cow. Like, it's our thing now. <laughs> That's our thing now? You say pig and I say cow? That's our thing? I don't think Ryan's ever seen a cow, so, I've you know. i <laughs> Then she sends me another message saying, my mother bought me a 30-foot scarf. I don't know how to wear it. I'm going to use it as a rope and drag my luggage. I have to tell you what someone on the subway said today. Okay, you have to understand that I love this scarf because it's beautiful and it's colorful and... It's bright, okay? It's very neat. And I'm sitting on, and I'm just so excited because this is the first day in my entire life that I've ever worn a scarf and, like, used it purposefully. Anyway, so I'm wearing this scarf, and this woman on the subway turns to me and says, it must be great to be such a proud lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, I was, and I couldn't think of anything to say, so I said, thank you. was the right answer, though. Well done, I don't know. Jen, welcome so to New I England, and if you move over to Massachusetts, you and Danielle can actually get married. That's all I can tell you. I saw snow on the ground. <laughs> That's Jen's okay. comeback. I, I, think it, snow. I think it fell off someone's bumper. <laughs> <laughs> but it was there. I see. What do you call, Ryan, those houses the subway trains are in? You know, like on 72nd Street, there's the house, the subway's inside the house? No. Like where it lives at night? What is it? What are they, like Thomas the Tank Engine? What the hell are you even talking about? <laughs> Jen knows what I'm talking about. In Thomas, they were called roundhouses. Jen, continue your story. Just talk over them. Wait, where is Mike going with that question? I don't know. Mike? Mike? <laughs> I forgot where it was going. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> Like, okay, you know, I'd never been to New York before, obviously, mm-hmm. and the flight coming in, I came in, I flew in last night, and so everything was dark. I saw lights, and so I went, oh, pretty, you know, <laughs> and, and then I saw some skyscrapers, and I thought, wow, New York is awesome looking, and I was, I was kept looking out my window, and then I really saw New York. <laughs> that was <laughs> Queens, <it> apparently. <laughs> and, like... 
I swear, if anyone had asked me, what do you think at that moment? The only thing that could come to my head was, it's so big. It's so big. I just and have I to interrupt know, you for a second, Jen. That was the exact same thing that she was thinking last week when she was staring at Harry's measurements in Naked Quidditch Match. <laughs> I tell you what, Meg and I are planning a summit, a PFW summit in Kansas City, and just for that, I'm taking you. Hold on. Party. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> You're planning a summit in Kansas City? Who is on the search committee? I'm in the middle of the country. Everybody can get to me very easily. By and course. No money. So Ryan has told me previously that I need to just wave my arm up and yell for a taxi, and a taxi would, because a taxi, yeah, no, because no, no, taxi no, will come up. We have to explain this. Jen said, I have my whistle ready when I get to New York. I'm like, your whistle? <laughs> oh, I've been practicing. She's like, yeah, I'm like, what, what, what is the purpose of the whistle? If you're being mugged? She's like, no, for the taxi. I'm like, you're going to whistle for the taxi? Yes. They're not going to know what you're doing. You wave your arm and say taxi, and the taxi pulls over. But I didn't mean at the airport. No, you're just walking down the street. Nobody told me about the taxi line. Oops. Okay. <laughs> so I get in the taxi yet. line, and, okay, the lady in front of me wants to use a credit card. So you know how the taxis line up in threes, because for some reason they come in threes. <laughs> It's like magic. Anyway, um, so the first one goes, I don't take credit cards. So they, so the woman pushed me to his car because obviously I was paying cash, I guess. No one ever asked. He pops the trunk open, and it, so I have to load my own bags into the back. And he just slams the door shut in the driver's side. And so I'm like, okay. So I get in the car. He's like, where are you going? And he was like, is that Brooklyn? I was like, Brooklyn. Yes. He's like, Brooklyn Heights. And I'm like, I don't know. I was like, I thought there was just a one. So we get in. He drives like a bat out of hell. I hadn't put on my seatbelt. I thought it was like a bus. You don't wear a seatbelt. <laughs> he started taking off. We almost crashed just pulling off the curb, like with the cab behind us. So, okay. So I put on my seatbelt. And I'm, like, calling everybody going, oh, my God, New York's so big because I'm still gawking. And he's like, is this your first time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that obvious? Obviously. Anyway. <laughs> About halfway to, to Danielle's, we hit traffic, and he turns around and he goes, "Well, I'm sorry that I was so mean back there, but you have to understand that it wasn't my turn to go to Brooklyn. I was supposed to go to downtown." <laughs> like it's not. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so anyway, we're going 70 down Danielle Street. Danielle's on this quiet I'm screaming. This is a residential area. Anyway. And, <laughs> And, like, it's a one-way street, and Danielle's house is on the right, but we have to one-way left. So he's like, I'll just go around the block again. So, like, he goes around the block again to only wind up right where he was. And I'm like, okay, it's fine. I'll get out and walk. So, like, he charged me five extra dollars because he's an idiot. And Danielle comes back around and, like, this figure, and she goes, is that you? And I don't see who she is. She always, like, yelling at me. <laughs> she was like, I saw someone with luggage. So today we got up, we left, and Danielle put me on the subway. Left it was really crowded. Like, and Danielle's like, okay, well, here is where I got work. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> Danielle's a wonderful planner. Um, yeah, good luck with that. And, uh... <laughs> yes, I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs>
<laughs> well, I'm just giving her. Actually, she explained. She went into detail last night about where I was going, and so anyway, I knew what was happening. Jen's trapped in Harlem and time. can't find a way back. See, she apologizes <laughs> to Danielle with me. It's like go to hell. <laughs> I can't. So imagine. anyway, I, I end up on Broadway and 81st. Except no one told me I expected to step off the subway and there would be the museum. No one told you that. that. Wasn't the case. That's a key. That's code I, that's for Danielle. Let me down. I assume that because like in D.C. when it you got off on like the Smithsonian one there was the Smithsonian. Like so anyway so I get off and like I'm totally lost. So I end up walking like I don't know 18 blocks to try to figure out where this thing is. She's 400 feet away from it the whole time. Oh and I had a bagel this morning. With locks? And Ryan, well, Ryan was like, well, what did you put on it? And I was like, whippy stuff. Like, <laughs> I'm just shaking my head. I'm like, well, she made me coffee. <laughs> well, I was like, wow, this is amazing coffee. And she's like, I grind my own beans. <laughs> she looks like Nelson. <laughs> Okay, so I'm alone at this huge natural museum, and did you know that they security check your bags when you go in? Yeah. But they, it's so stupid. They just sort of glance in your bag. Mike's cavity search and coming like, up next. I'm like, okay, what if I had something under my book? Mm-hmm, you don't know. It's so unpurposeful. Like, they say security check, and then they don't look. You may remember Jen okay, from the 9-11 then, commission. So I get in there, and I'm totally, like, open-mouthed and in awe and can't move. And I notice that there is all these British people around me. One of them bumped into me or something or I was moving past and I was like, pardon me. And they were like, wait, say that again. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, where are you from? And I was like, Texas. And they're like, oh my God, no way. Where's your horse? And I was like, I didn't bring it on the subway. And I was like, and you're from England. And I was like, Harry Potter. And they were like, yeah. And like we became good friends. So anyway, so I hung out with this with these tenth graders all day. These British tenth graders. I had a ball. I had an absolute ball. Oh, anyway, so then I got bored. Well, I'm not bored. I was exhausted. I was tired. And so it, I'd been there like six hours, seven hours, like walking around. And um, so finally, I left. And that's when I started talking to Mike. And I was like, Mike, okay, tell me where to go. He's so lovely. I would like to point out, Jen doesn't have anything to do tomorrow morning, so Mike is flying in to hang out with her. Is that not wonderful? On an airplane with wings. With wings. As opposed to an airplane without wings, which would work fabulously. Silence, Jane. Hopefully I'll get a flight because I'm just showing up. So, yeah. You can do that? So Mike's taking a one-way trip to New York. Yeah, he's getting cavity searched. I was like I'm an Algerian terrorist. Oh, like, for the yeah, love of God. Three o'clock shadow thing going. I think my eyes were rolling. You had a three o'clock shadow? I thought it was a five o'clock shadow. Uh, whatever it is. It was such a two-day shadow. Three o'clock shadow. It was such a 48-hour shadow. I went to Paris. They thought I was Algerian. They wouldn't. They did like a big search of me with the Paris. Apparently, they're really sensitive about Algerians in Paris. I want my cupcake. Jen, we're podcasting. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go. I just, I'm just amused by the fact that both P.S. and Lady Chi also updated the Perfect Weekly Library. <laughs> because, Chi, I love you dearly. You're two different personalities. Yeah, well, Ryan sent me this thing. It was like a 15-point checklist of things I was supposed to check during the process of updating. I was like, oh, whatever. <laughs> she updates 10 stories in our library. None of the links work. The ones that do are linking to the wrong stories. There's random HTML in the middle of the page. And she's like, stop you, bitch, and it's fine. So I'm like, okay, you're fired. People keep telling me about Lady Chi being sn- I've never seen her say anything mean to anyone, ever. Did you listen to the 
the scathed episode? Did you? You were in the she scathed was being episode. Really, I was, but she's being so friendly. I, I've never seen her actually I, be mean to someone. Mike, wasn't that your first episode? <laughs> I'd have been, yeah. <laughs> Didn't I send you a letter of apology? I don't want people to think I'm mean. I'm not I've mean. I've never seen a mean word to anyone ever. There's a difference between snarky and, and mean. Uh, Rena is snarky. She is snarky. Meg can be snarky. Meg can also be a Care Bear. Jen hugs trees just because they're alive. Like, there's different yeah. personality types. But what is snarky? Snarky oh, is, um... Number one, Lady Chi, and then number two should be the actual definition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it's, I would say. It's, it's just a certain attitude, kind of sarcastic. It's, like, oh, smart, I, sarcastic. That's cool, though. I will know it, though, because he's so nice. He just assumes the best out of everybody, so I don't think he'll recognize it. I'll be like, oh, she was giving that author constructive criticism. <laughs> well, she's literally outside slashing their tire open saying, you should not be allowed to drive. <laughs> no. Well, as we go along, I'll say something and then I'll go, that was snarky. And then, like, okay. maybe you'll know well, like the what stuff, that like, is. I think Aspen probably appreciated that. That, you know, you were, like, you're constructive. I mean, I think she appreciated it in the end. In the end. <laughs> Everybody's dialogue in this story is so far beyond believable that it sometimes just like <laughs> drops you out of the story. Like, I agree. What Chi, I'm, are, were we separated at birth? Oh, I God, think so. No. I'm gonna bet that Viridian's a Star Trek fan because this is like a classic Star Trek episode, <laughs> and you really see that in these chapters with Molly Weasley. He didn't meet her at King's Cross. All she knows is he's the kid writing her ten-year-old daughter letters. She doesn't know who he is. How does Meg be nice? How do you know that going? Through these chats. Sorry. You know I would the- be like, what's going on here? Exactly. Why is this guy writing you letters and he sounds like he's 30? We have a rhythm. Yes, she and I spoon. It's lovely. <laughs> I can't wait for that episode. Oh, God. <laughs> Well, That's here's the thing. Are you just happy to see me? Here, here, here's the thing. If oh, Jen can spoon with Danielle, I can spoon with Lady Chi. It's true. It's true. There's about as much chemistry between Ryan and I as there is between D- Jen and Danielle. You can no, tell because you're spooning, and I'm still referring to her as Lady Chi. That's the problem. It's just, you know what it is, Ryan? It's just because we both have such strong personalities that oh, if we ever you. tried to, like, no, yeah, no, if, no, no, like, no, if no. we ever spent, like, three days within each other's company, we'd be like, shut up. <laughs> Oh, I have to just tell you, she and I are sending messages back and forth to each other during the episode saying, go to hell, blow me. And, she's the, and I'm going to tell you this way. I'm the one saying go to hell. I just want to I want to just share one thing with everyone here. She and I had a fight the other I can't remember what the hell we fought about. But she and I absolutely had a fight the other day. And she was so sick. I don't remember what the hell she was on, but she was on something. And she was, she woke up the next day and she sent me a message saying, I have no idea what we said last night. I'm like, we fought, we kissed, we made up, it's fine. <laughs> We spooned. We spooned. Don't worry about we, it. We spooned. <laughs> Look, you may know this in the middle of this episode, Chi and I don't speak for half an Mike, hour. did you just say you can't see Chi fighting with anyone? I can't see I, Ryan fighting with anyone. I can see Ryan fighting oh with Oh, my someone. goodness. I can't see Chi fighting with each other. I can fight. I can fight. Yeah, Ryan, gets st- Ryan gets started. Like, I can see him, like, Honestly, Ryan, now. out of the four of us, who's the one who doesn't fight? Chi. What? No, Ryan, out of the four of us, out of me and you and Jen and Chi, who's the one that doesn't fight? You don't fight. It's me. I'm like, that sounds good. Meg sits in the corner and cries. <laughs> Jen and I... Do you think I can fight? I don't know. I, if I they just... ever break up, I'll be like a child of divorce. I just found out what your name was, like, Monday, so I'm not <laughs> sure but But... Yeah, it's well. The dynamic. Ryan and I are very. Ryan and I don't fight. We're just very cold to each other. Yes, here's 
here's the not thing. necessarily like, a mean thing. Yeah, and they say go to hell and here's, blow me. <laughs> I think the family dynamic here is 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 Jen and I are like mom and dad, and we're you. Oh, that's nice, dear. Pass the juice, will you? Oh, that's wonderful. How was your day? Like that's how we act. But then, like you know, there's this undercurrent of I want you to die. I don't even remember what happened last week, but I said something to Jen, and she wrote back a 94-page rebuttal, <laughs> which it sounded like you were talking Jen to the. Most when she's mad. No, no, she Let me was, just no, say that. She wasn't, she wasn't mad, <laughs> though, and neither was I. I wasn't mad. I wasn't. I, I don't remember. I think I said, like, I'm concerned about something, but it was like saying, mm, I'm concerned if we take 95, we're going to get traffic near the pike. It was like that level of concern. Like, ooh, mm-hmm. maybe if we can, we get, like, it wasn't a big deal. But I sent it to Jen, and she sent me back a 94 page rebuttal, <laughs> which read like you're talking to the guy who has the gun on you in, in the gas station convenience mart and you're like hostage negotiating and I'm like are you going to the impression I'm about to crack and, and I even call her I read the first three sentences and I call her I'm like what the hell is wrong with you and she's like no really I just want to make sure you're okay with that because I'm looking out for your best interests and I'm like what the hell are you talking about I'm saying I like Chinese better than Mexican I didn't know we had to and it doesn't help that she calls me Captain Coronary <laughs> but all my guy is he is just, so anal retentive that one of these days he's just going to have like a heart attack and die over something that doesn't matter. No, so I posted in there, I'm pulling the plug on the season finale. And like five minutes later, I go back on and I post, I'm plugging it back in again. And I started with episode one because I can't let it go. You know why I can't let it go? That will let the terrorists win. The idea of houses is probably one of the bigger mistakes of the wizarding world. Who are you to say that there are only four basic personality types in the world? And, that everybody and when you're 11 years old. Like if yeah. you are living in a dormitory for seven years of your life with nothing but people that are exactly like you. Do <laughs> yeah, you imagine putting all of the PSs in a dorm together for seven <laughs> years? PS and I would be dorming together. Just think about that. Well, no, I'm like, picturing this. That would be the cleanest, <laughs> most Lysol-smelling dorm in the entire school. I'm sorry, you said Lysol, and I think of the restricted section. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm coming at. I think kitchen counters, kitchen counters. Oh, God. She's, like, she's like, oh my God, I have to go clean my kitchen. You people. I'm looking at my kitchen right now, and I'm imagining what must have happened. Yes, insinuated that she was in my attic. <laughs> All of our younger members will listen oh, to this. Like, <laughs> the restricted section is not fun unless you're 18. Just so everybody laughs. <laughs> Hey, after that, yeah. you're fine. Before then, though, so it's not fun. Yeah, it's no, so it's not forum. I don't really read. Well, I don't know why. For some reason, there's so forum. I always like. I look at threads. Are so intimidating. Well, I was like, I went. No, I went in the restricted section one day and posted something innocent, and the next post was P.S. Trying to pry off my pilgrim suit. I ran like that. That's true. I remember that. I think we were bored. Okay, it's like attack the new. Yes, don't lie. That's not what we do, and we're bored. <laughs> we oh God. I mean, it is, but we want Harry to be like A Y L N O Harry, but with visions of the future in canon. Why 
we bringing you? <laughs> <laughs> no. no. I just like meant like there. with visions of the future. Yeah. No, what, what, yes. what? A year, no, no, a year like, a year like, no, no. Oh, God. Yeah. I was like, why am or something like that? I'm trying to figure out what it is. I'm picturing PS making like the M over her head trying to do the YMCA thing. And I was not doing Yeah, it's like, young Ron. There's no reason to fret. I said, young Ron. Da 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 da. You just stay there at Hogwarts. You can something, something, something. Da 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 da. Okay, sorry. Can someone make a note when I do the second season finale to put Chi doing YMCA from this? It's kind of like when you have PMS. Do you have this? PS, when you have yes. PMS, you can see yourself. I'm sorry, that sounded so funny. PMS, PS, I'm like, what? I had PMS this week. Uh, I, I now know PS's schedule and her first name. <laughs> Meg and I almost got, like, a divorce last week. Because of Meg's, Meg's entire, the entire podcast, Meg sounded like this the entire, and I'm talking over her, and she's like, Ryan doesn't value my opinions anymore, and it's like, I'm like, what? And she had, no, she thought she sounded, oh, it's this terrible thing, but Meg, I actually just thought something. It was a big deal. Well, hold on, oh, whoa, 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 I just got something in my head, hold on, hold on, hold on, welcome back to Parfait Weekly, this is Ryan, and, and you're Jen. I'm Jennifer Hall. You're Jennifer Hall, and that's Chi over there, oh, the Hosts are here. I know. Cody, get the hell out of the way. Group hug. We are the Honda of the podcast world. Bit of We're a problem. Like the Hummer. We are the Hummer. We, we we have like well we, no we can't be a Hummer. Hummer is way. Well we're huge. I'm trying no. to think a huge. What's the car that they sell? It's like the size of like a bathtub, and it's like yeah, like only people with scoliosis can like shove themselves in it. No, not the police. They're selling it in like India now, and it's like sold in India or something. I don't, I don't know. know. My mom went to France, and there was these like tiny cars. They were really really small. Yes. I don't know. Yes. One of those. Like that is the Perfect Weekly Mobile. I even got it three times. People, it's a smart car. Oh my god, we can't hear Meg again. Meg! <laughs> this is the first time we've heard you. <laughs> Welcome to Barbic Weekly, everyone. This is Meg. Oh god. Chi, we talk because it didn't sound loud to me. Yeah, Chi talk. There once was a man from Nantech. Oh, okay. <laughs> At some points, IT, you are sounding like a little bit softer than normal. Just like at some points you're fine, some points you seem to like drown in the valley of the thing. Oh, I'm sorry. The valley of the thing. The the valley, not the vowel, the valley. The valley of the thing, not the vowel of the thing. (laughs) Valley of the thing makes sense. Vowel of the thing, you just sound like you're on, you know, like muggle cast or something. I'm not really sure. I'm sorry. Sorry. Okay. I'll try. I'll try not to be Emerson tonight. Well, that would be good. That would be good. That'd be good. Emerson. I must love Wank. I just like declared war on muggle cast for like no reason. Well, they hardly exist anymore, do they? Like, I not that I've listened in. Yeah, our, our um our three hundred regular re- listeners are going to be up in arms against their ten thousand downloads. Our three hundred can kick their ten thousand <laughs> because it's like, our, like our, we are small in number, but those of us who are here live here, and yeah. we have sticks, and we defend. We're like the people that like you step on their lawn and they shoot your leg. Off. <laughs> like that's kind of like that. that's not really a good image to project if you want people to like join the forum. Please visit the park. Like, yeah, we'll forum. shoot you. Chase Ryan. Up a tree. All right, this is Lady G's final episode on Perfect Weekly, everyone. <laughs> oh, look, we lost she. Damn. It'll make me feel better if you give them to yourself. Oh, hi. Love me. She. Uh, who the hell is that? The other one, not she, the other one. Jess. <laughs>
Jen. Hi, Ryan. I met you. This is the first time that we've spoken since I left New York. Is it? Is, it, is this weird for you? I don't know. No. Okay. Well, it doesn't feel any different, I guess. Uh, Does it to you? N- no, Jen. I think I think our marriage will be just fine. You have to understand, when Ryan and I met, it wasn't like one of those moments where like time stops and like we ran through the daisies towards each other. <laughs> like I was staring at the ceiling. No, you, you have to understand this. <laughs> yes. I got off my train with my friend Karen. I got off my, Karen and I get off the train and we're walking. Now, if you haven't been to Grand Central Terminal, picture like the Great Hall with like it's doors huge. along the side. So you walk into this big open space and I'm on my phone and I can barely hear Danielle and she's like, we're out in the, in, in, in the main we're in the middle. concourse area. So I'm walking around looking for, you know, like everyone's wearing dark black coats and I'm looking around her, and I see someone wearing this bright red coat staring up at the ceiling, like waiting for it to collapse. It had constellations all over the ceiling. It's so, awesome. So I just walked over. I'm like, hey, Jen. Hey, Ryan. Ryan dragged me through Times Square. Dragged and that was her. the coolest yeah. and scariest thing I've ever been in my... It was awesome. Well, here's one thing that we learned. I can say this. One thing <laughs> we learned... Now, Chi, let me ask you a question. For an average walking day, what's, like, normal distance-wise? Like, if you have a really heavy walking day. Oh, like if I'm going to class. Yes. A couple of miles. We walk long distances. Yeah, you walk around. So, you walk, yeah, you have to go. Yeah, yeah, okay. Meg, whatever. Meg, for you, like, a good a, a good walk. Like, what's a good walk for you, Meg, from Wisconsin? To the bathroom and back. Okay. <laughs> Cody, <laughs> Cody. Well, I sometimes walk, like, a mile to go to work if See? there's no car. If my good, parents good. are, like, in, I don't know. Good. Now, one thing we learned is Texas is all on one floor, so Jen didn't know what <laughs> stairs were. That was new. <laughs> and apparently, oh, my God. <laughs> she, oh, my God. And she apparently drives everywhere, so she's never walked longer than 20 feet without a rest. So Danielle and I decided, let's take her on a walking tour of New York City. I thought she was going to die. <laughs> you have no idea. Now, here's the thing. For those of you. West thing, though. Yes. Like, we drive everywhere. Like, I drive to campus. I park my car and I walk around. And then I drive back yeah. to my apartment. It's not like I walk to campus and I walk back. Well, like, there I is at I least, like, 40 anywhere. flights of stairs to get down to the subway and up again. You like, liar. <laughs> you lying little Texan. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to go up and down all of that stuff like 800 times a day. Jen, it was Thank an God underground was subway closer. system. How did you think you were going to get down there? I don't know. I just thought, I didn't think it was underground, remember? Well, you also thought the confetti fell in Times Square all the time <laughs> and they recycled it. it. I was disappointed that there was no confetti. Uh, some people you can't please. So, Je- so for those of you who live in New York City, we decided to walk from 8th Avenue on 34th Street down to 5th Avenue. Now, it's a 10-minute walk. Danielle and I, by the end of it, literally had to, like, fireman lift Jen and Karen down the stairs. And then we had to make one more quick stop. We had to stop at the kitchen store. So we took the subway to the kitchen store. Now, Jen, to this day, has no memory. Jen has no me- Jen thinks we walked 25 blocks. She has no memory of the subway ride. We went to the kitchen store. We literally walked in and bought, what did we buy, like a bag and a dish or something? Yeah, like, like, you go outside, and Jen and Karen are, like, sleeping on the sidewalk. No in that store. And so Karen and I, and y'all have to understand, like Ryan and Danielle are like hopping and like skipping and running everywhere. Karen and I are like trudging, you know, like flat foot stomping. We're so tired. So we get to the store and like Ryan and Danielle are like, oh, look at this. It's a spoon and it's a plate and blah, blah, blah. And like I go around the store and like there's no chairs. So I go outside and, like, you know what? I'm just going to sit on this step out here. 
<laughs> Every chance I got, I was like, ooh, chair. So then after that, so then we, we take the subway back to Brooklyn where Danielle lives. And here's the thing. I really want Chinese food, and Danielle really wants pizza. And it's like, it's literally like a, like, it's like a half a mile walk down the road. So we decide, now, now on the subway, Jen is starting to do that thing. You know, like when Dumbledore, you know, is about to die, he like slowly starts sliding down the wall. <laughs> Jen is doing that in the subway. So Jen is slowly sliding down her seat. And yeah, I look over. Can I clarify first? Yes, please. This is at the very like end of the week. And I have like run like 800,000 miles, this, like from eight to five, walking, walking, walking everywhere. And so by the end of the week, like with no rest day in between, yeah, I so, was starting to like drag. So Jen starts dragging and she has this look on her face like Peter Griffin for some reason. I don't know what it is. So Jen's, so Jen's I'm like, start, I remember now. So Jen's starting to lose consciousness. I'm like, Jen, you all right? She's like, I need to take my medication. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, Jen, what time are you supposed to take your medicine? Two hours ago. I have to take it with food. Oh, do you mind walking with us while we get Chinese? So we get off the subway. Danielle's holding her up by one side. I'm holding her up by the other. We, like, carry her half a mile down the road. I go in and order my food, and Jen, like, falls in the chair by the door. So I'm like, all right, tell you what, Jen, I'm going to wait for my Chinese. Now, Jen's starting to, like, look at me like she's drunk at this point. I'm like, Jen, I'm going to sit here and wait for my Chinese. Danielle's going to take you next door to the pizza place while she eats, and she's going to force feed you food so you can take your bill. And Jen's like, okay. And she sits there and stares blankly ahead at the fish tank. I'm like, Jen, you're supposed to go with Danielle. Oh, okay. Now, now, would you like me to wait here so we have to carry Jen next door and, like, force feed her pizza until she starts to come back to life? It was, it was bad. Yeah. It was bad. In all fairness, though, like, when we did D.C., and I I've done DC twice, but like when you do DC and you don't utilize the subway system and you like walk everywhere in creation, yeah, I got that. Utilize so, the subway system. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, literally, the next day, what happened was we we went to a store Jen wanted to go to. Jen wanted to go to a photo store. And we got to the photo store, and it was closed. So we walked So we walked to the subway, and we took the subway to the dish store, and Danielle bought something. Now, the next day, Danielle's at work. We went back to the photo store, and, and we walked around the photo store. We did our photo store stuff. And then after that, I'm like, mm, you know what? There was something Danielle really liked at the, at the dish store, and I want to buy it for her as a present. I'm like, do you guys mind going back with me at the dish store? And Karen and Jen are like, no. Of course not. So we go the exact same way. No, it was different. And they're and they're saying uh, you, you, you want to take us on that like you know hell journey to the dish store. It's like we almost died. And we get there in like fifteen minutes. And like no, no, no. This is not how we went last night. Because obviously we wouldn't have bitched that much. I met Jen, and and you know what? In person, she's exactly what you would expect. <laughs> So really? Yeah, you're exactly what I thought you would be in more. Oh, you too. That's so nice. Mike flew in to, to be my tour guide. He did. And that he was such a sweet guy, you guys. Mike's really awesome. Sweet. Well, we have a photo, which is, I'll put up on the, uh, I'll put up on powerfactweekly.com. We actually took a photo where we were all apparently standing in order of height. And it's like little Jen in the corner, then Karen above her, then Danielle, then me, and then Mike, who is 17 feet tall. So it's, it's a great He's 6'6". Six, six. And you know, the first thing that Mike said to me, he goes, I thought you were like six feet. <laughs> Here I am at five two or something. He was like, "You're a lot shorter than I thought you'd be." And I was like, "Oh, but. Mike's coming to Kansas. I've worn him down. He has he has relatives out here. You're having his, our Midwest summit. I guess his stepdad's family is from Newman, Kansas. Woo-hoo. 
who? Which is in like the middle of nowhere, right? Um, it's, it's north and west of Wichita. And watch have... somebody come, like, come on and be like, but yeah, it, it's between Wichita and Manhattan. Oh. Probably like an hour and... <sighs> Wait, there's a place minutes. in Kansas called Manhattan? Manhattan is yeah, that's so... where I live. Jen, I have a question. Did you just ask if Manhattan was near Roswell? <laughs> I thought she said New Mexico, and I was like, wait. Kansas. <laughs> she lives in Kansas. <laughs> I know. I was yeah, like, I'll give you her address now. <laughs> Ryan won't embarrass me here. <laughs> you can hear her giggling, like, nervously, like maybe Ryan's been here. Ryan hears everything. I will send you the link to the Little Apple's homepage so you can see what the difference is between your Manhattan and my Manhattan. Oh. I live in like a suburb of the middle of Pennsylvania, but I just didn't understand. I didn't get didn't get to oh, yeah. in Kansas. Speaking of the Big Apple, Jen tells me before she goes, she's so excited to to, to visit the Big Apple. I'm like Jen, people don't really call it the Big Apple. I'm like, yes, they do. It's like kind of like a visitor thing. No one who lives there called like the thing Jen thought was everyone wears their like hard hats, you know, for when the terrorists hit, you know, walking around <laughs> all day. And she thought that people refer to it as the Big Apple. Neither of which are true. So I finally instill in Jen the fact that people do not call it the Big Apple. So we're in a Christmas store for, for yeah, some Christmas godforsaken reason. And tell them what happened. <laughs> well, I met this woman, and actually I was looking at the ornaments, and I saw that there were these pretty, pretty like, sparkly apples mixed in with the New York stuff. And, like, for a minute, it didn't dawn on me, the Big Apple. I was sort of like, what's this fruit here for? <laughs> Like, who would want to put apples on their tree? Like, that's sort of strange. And this woman comes up behind me, and she goes, well, you know, the big apple. So I turn around, and I'm like, yay, you've just made my entire trip. You just called New York City the big apple. And I I actually thanked her. Like, Ryan is, like, sitting back looking completely bemused behind me. So I was like, you've just made my entire trip. Um, I wanted to meet a New Yorker who would call it the big apple. And she was like, well, you know, really (laughs) – I'm from Texas. (laughs) And I was like, no way, me too. And was like, where are you from? And she was like, Arlington. And I was like, oh my God, seriously, that's like 20 miles away from where I live. The one person who I met in New York who called it the Big Apple was actually from my hometown. (laughs) Well, Jen, you went to New York with the hope of seeing snow. What happened while you were in New York? Oh, this pisses me off. Okay, I'm in New York. It's like 90 degrees. And I called James and James is like, guess what? And I'm like, what? He's like, it snowed today. Oh my god. <laughs> In freaking Texas. Jen, what did you teach you to say? What did you take me to see? What did we teach you to say? My name is Jen. As opposed to? Hi, my, my name, name is Jen, and I'm from Borough Hall. For the first four days, we're all sitting there staring at Jen going, I don't know what she's saying. Say it again. <laughs> I'm from Borough Hall. Jared really caught on to that and really thought that was hilarious. She really did. Well, we had a whole day where all four of us just sat down and sort of stared at each other, which I told Meg was going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. And we all were... We're, like, comparing our accents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the funniest conversation. Well, Danielle cried when she realized she lost her Boston accent. And we're still looking at Jen going, you know what she's saying? Nope. Okay, we'll talk to her later. And it, it, it was, <laughs> Jen brought her work it, work it camera. So it's like you're sitting there and, like, in the time it takes me to say work it, work it, she's taking 148 photos of me. Okay, for those of you who don't know Jen, you know, who think that maybe Jen doesn't have a sense of humor, Jen tells Dan, now think about this for a minute. If you're in the room with another person, practice on them, Okay. 
She tells Danielle and I, now Danielle is what, five foot two and I'm like five foot ten. She tells us to stand back to back. Like, okay. <laughs> so stand back to back. Now she says, now hold each other's hands, but like turn your, your, your hands around. So as you're standing straight, your palms are facing forward. And, and inter- all right, so stand back to back and each of you stand so your palms are facing outward from yourself. So your palms are facing away from you. <laughs> confusing and she says walk hands and i'm like all right and then she says now look into each other's eyes (laughs) i almost dislocated my shoulder (laughs) and then she's like work it work it work it so we have 17 photos of me like trying to like wrestle danielle from behind for those of you who don't know the promenade in brooklyn it is over highway 278 i'm standing over a freaking highway Jen has a scarf over her entire face with the holes cut out for the eyes. I thought my face was going to break off. And she's got the camera, the big-ass camera, blocking her entire face. This thing is like, this thing is like you know, the freaking Hubble telescope. And she's telling me, okay, now, in a very low voice, okay, Ryan, now smile. Okay, Ryan, now look serious. And I'm looking at her like, what? what? So Danielle looks beautiful, and I look just confused. I'm smiling when I should be serious, and I'm trying to, like, see Danielle. And every time I turn around, I flip her over. It's so it was awful. Jen, do you know what we didn't do the entire time you were there? What did we not do? We did everything. You and I never took a picture together. Did we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did in nope. front of the bridge when we went to the pier. Just you and I. There's no picture with just you and I. Are you serious? We never took a picture together. Are we having so photos of Jen and Ryan? We have photos of me and Jen <laughs> in the same. Right now. Like, we're not played by the same actor. Like, we have pictures of us, you know, some, but I don't have any of just the two of us. Wait, I thought that we did by the arbor, on the arbor thingy. The, the arbor? <laughs> That's what I call it. Y'all just say it wrong. You mean the harbor? No, it's it's an arbor on the harbor. Can you what? say that again, please? <laughs> okay, harbor, it's another word for pier. Uh-huh. And an arbor is like a, a, a mall or a, like a, a building with stores in it on top of the pier. So you're saying that you and I took a picture together on the harbor arbor. No, the arbor on the harbor. <laughs> <laughs> what is the difference between the arbor on the harbor and the harbor arbor? Because my way is not as confusing. The arbor the on the harbor. Because you're all about doing things in a non-confusing way. To you by Dr. Seuss. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Weekly Arbor Harbor. <laughs> All right, if you find a picture of just the two of us, send it to me, but I don't believe that picture exists. No, we'll, do, we'll edit Mike out. We'll edit Mike out and put like a pole or like a bench swing. Jen isn't for posed pictures. Jen is like, you come out of the bathroom in the morning, you're scratching yourself, and she jumps out of the closet, takes a picture, and runs. Jen is all for real life. I have pictures of Jen where I swear to God she was in the bush. She was hiding behind <laughs> Yesterday, I was 20 years old, so... Happy birthday. Oh, hold on. Stop, stop, Jen. Yep. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday Okay, stop. Everybody, stop. Stop, 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 stop. Okay, you continue your toilet. Okay. Happy birthday. So, so I called my parents and I was like, I'm kind of having like a crappy week and today is my birthday. And, and well, my sister called our parents. We're like, meet us in Topeka and let's all go out to dinner. So we did. And, um, my brother came. So it was my brother and his girlfriend who goes to school in Lawrence and, um, myself and my sister and, um, our, my roommate for next year. Well, we kind of like, we had noticed that our bathroom floor had been wet, but didn't really think all that much of it. Mm-hmm. We came back, like our floor was soaking and literally my, the bowl of my toilet was dripping. 
So <laughs> we're like, quick, like we called the maintenance people. We're like, mm. quick, hide the Kool-Aid, Paul, because like I had gotten um, a lot of Kool-Aid mm-hmm. and we bought a couple of bottles of Kool-Aid because we were going to um, eat cheese and crackers and drink Kool-Aid. When I fir- when we first found out we were going to read this story, I was like, oh my God, this is the story where Harry goes back, goes back in time and he like molests Jenny and it's just freaking <laughs> gross and oh my God. And I was just like, I can't believe we picked this. Bit. And okay, so I've started rereading it and I ha- I just want to make a point to say this publicly. I mixed this story up with a slash story. <laughs> <in my head. laughs> to condense everything Jen just said, I'm so glad we're not covering crap. <laughs> Exactly Jen, you brought up the point too that why isn't anyone, you know, picking up at the fact that Harry's using the Obliviate spell? Uh, they don't remember it. Candy oh. Harry was always described as Molly as one of my own. Mm-hmm. He still sleeps with her daughter. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. And feels probably no guilt over it. <laughs> I still think it's okay. I mean, I don't think he'll feel any guilt. I mean, well, he still doesn't really feel guilt. It's almost like point. cruel intentions. They're not cruel intentions. Know. What's that movie okay. with um, Michelle <laughs> Keller and uh, the hot guy, and they go to the private school, and their stepbrother and stepsister, and there's like all that like cruel tension intentions. and cruel intentions. That's well, what I, I have a question. Know. Has anyone actually looked at the uh, the pure blood family tree? Have you? Uh, no. Yes. Okay, everyone. You at home, too, up. in listener land. Google Molly Weasley. And the first thing that's going to come up is the Weasley family Wikipedia, all right? Okay, yes. Now, scroll down to family tree, all right? Uh, Everyone find Arthur Weasley, okay? So cute. Okay. The picture or the square? Oh, I know. The square, Jen. Oh, because Mark Williams is a door. Okay, sorry. Okay, we have Arthur and we have Molly, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. See that little line between them? That means means married. married. That That means means married. That means they've seen each other naked. You know what I mean? That that, that little line right there? Okay. (laughs) Now, let's, now, come, they've got seven kids, well, right? Even that. Right. So it's not I mean, like that was like a fluke. Kid. You know what I'm saying? This is like a long standing thing, okay? Well, he now, did say he sometimes talks like a 15 year old. So you're trying to tell us that they like to see each other naked, is what you're One saying. One would certainly think. Yes. Okay. Now, Gross. If it's like you, thinking about your parents. Now, if you look at this, go up to their parents' level. So go up one level on the family tree, okay? Cinder- oh, Cedrilla Black. Okay, see? Okay, Arthur's got Oh, black. it's just like a... Oh, that's weird. Okay, see that? Now, oh. look, now, now, go, up, now go up on Nollies. See how we got okay. the female Pruitt? Why did they name their kids female and male Pruitt? Oh. No, that's not their name. don't know their names, Jen. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Ew. But Molly and... Okay, we got that. Now go up to the grandparents' level. Do you see how it's the same box? They're grandparents. (laughs) Yes! They're like second cousins. Well, that's allowed in Jane Austen's world. It can be allowed that's in the Wizard. Honestly, world. second cousins. Well, obviously, First if you're pure blooding, is okay, allowed if you're in the United a, States, right? Exactly. In George now, <laughs> a little bit. Okay, if you were going to have pure blood relationships and you only want your pure blooded children to marry other pure bloods, obviously you're going to have some inbreeding problems. Look at the royal family of England or Russia. Or or the royal Russia families or over their cheek. They must have come up with, like, a wizarding way of solving the hemophilia. All I want to say, all I want to say is Arthur and Molly are cousins, and if they can be cousins and have seven kids, Harry can date his stepsister. All I'm saying. Oh my gosh, this makes sense why they both have red hair. (laughs) (laughs) This is a non-explicit episode. (laughs) 
outright. Oh, Arthur and Molly got naked. Good and babies. <laughs> if it was explicit, you know, we would say how they did it. You know how they yeah. say, I love you like a brother, I love you like a sister? <laughs> Molly and Arthur can be like, I love you like a cousin. No, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> hey, do you remember the time a grandpa did that funny thing? <laughs> they laugh and they laugh and they laugh. Ew. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Stop, you guys are ruining the whole series. All right, back away from me. I wonder if the Weasley kids get it, like, they grow up and they're like, wait a minute, Dad, did y'all know each other before you got married? Why do we only have one set of grandparents? Jen, where were you the night we did Naked Quidditch Match? I was not there. Thank you. Do we know where you were? Oh, you had, no, you, um, you were sick that night, right? Was I in New York? No, you were in the hospital. Or you were in the hospital, you were at the doctor, right? I don't think so. Or is that when we moved, when I moved? Why would, that, why would that involve a pirate, though? Because we all laughed at the joke, and by the, the, it's been so long since we recorded the damn thing, I can't remember what the joke was anymore. I, we're all like, was it a flood? Were you in the emergency room? You know what? That was one of the jokes of Perfect Weekly. We're going to listen to that, and we're going to have no Oh, no, the sand in my eye. <laughs> the you sand eye in your eye. You, it was you, awful. You had the eye patch. Thank you. Isn't this terrible that, that we've gotten to the point of Perfect Weekly where we forget the fact that Jen was walking around <laughs> with an eye patch? <laughs> Was it a flood joke? I showed Ryan a picture. Jen, was that? You should see this picture. It's Jen with an <laughs> iPad frowning. It's the like, sun. <laughs> That's terrible. I know. Oh, that was the most terrible thing I've ever seen. Rip- like, it was so funny. I felt so bad. Literally, um, P.S. You, uh, oh, God, P.S. Cody, whatever the hell your name is. I got what, Jen. You said that twice. I can't help it. I know. You, There's you know how many times? Oh, my God. I think I'm going to have to call Danielle after this. Oh, God. Oh, God. The time I called it, Jen, was inopportune. Um, the, um, <laughs> it was Jen had... Jen got dirt in her eye, and her eye got infected, so she's wearing a giant eye patch, and they held the eye patch in place with latex tape, which tape. caused an allergic reaction, which caused her other eye to swell shut, so she's walking around like a zombie for like... I wasn't walking around, I was like in my bed, it was horrible. And I'm like, Jen, I don't feel like you're pulling your weight in the podcast, and she's like feeling for her computer. Jen, you sent me a text message that said... Damn birds when you were in New York, and you never followed up to explain that until I got there. Would you like to share with our listeners what happened no. to you with a flock of birds, or would you prefer I do it? I am not going to share that story. You better do because it. Because I think I need to go get vaccinated for bird flu. Jan, Jan, Jan was near a, um, a flock of birds, which, you know how sometimes... Okay, I was outside of the Met, and there was the per- the pigeon lady from Mary Poppins there. Okay, continue. The pigeon lady from Mary Poppins? Well, no, she's yeah, dead, but it, it was her daughter was in, 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 in America <laughs> instead of in London. And she was... And she was doing the thing with the tubbins or whatever the hell she was doing. And the birds all fly in random directions. And a bird made a kamikaze run at Jen and flew into her, doing like 80 miles an hour, into her like abdomen. And Jen like toppled over. It was screaming, I have bird flu. I have bird flu. I called Ryan. I was like, do I have to get vaccinated? Crap. got some weight to throw Sorry. around. We're not getting into cannibalism, Jen, by the way. The entire, like, Northwest United States has, like, pink and white all over everything. What? Sorry. What? I was checking weather.com, and it was, like, pink and white over oh the entirety God, of Northwest. Oh, my God. You so belong on the podcast. She's one of us. 
<laughs> Hold on, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. I just thought of something. I just thought of something. She's correcting Jen's speech. She's surfing Uh-oh. the web during the podcast. Oh, God. Oh, my no, God. In all fairness, we're supposed to be like a major winter storm. I wanted to check. Gee, if you come for the podcast next week and someone's in your parking space, I would worry. Cody, what are your thoughts on commas? Okay. Um, Cody, <laughs> the rest of you can. Okay. It's really annoys me when people don't put commas where they're supposed to be. Um. If they have a really long sentence and there's no commas. All mine are usually grammatically correct. And I work for the newspaper. So when there were, like, seniors who can't write, and I got an article from one of them today, and I'm like, you're a senior, how are you graduating? You can't even write correct sentences? I get a little annoyed sometimes. I might um, freaking people out, but whatever. Um, I'm actually on the forum trying to figure out how to change her username to Mini-Me. Um, <laughs> Can we call her Chi-2? Oh, God. Yes, you are officially Chi-2. <laughs> He'll probably remember that. <laughs> <laughs> well, even I can't even hear Chi right now, but it's probably the exact thing. It's same Chi, thing comma, Chi. You know, I kind of got stuck on commas, like, because my mother always said, well, you know, you put a comma where you breathe. And I was as <laughs> what? bad at it. And so, Welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is me. Long time. <laughs> All right. Like, let's so, just a few minutes. Don't like, worry. Septimus? That is a horrible name. <laughs> that oh my like Septimus? Septimus? Ryan and Cody back. Oh, Cody's not here? No. I really like that name, Fabian. Down on the name of your kids, Megan. <laughs> Fabian? Yeah. I didn't say I liked it that much. Come on now. <laughs> Found the button to put Cody back in the room. Oh, gag, Rose, Hugo, and blah. Well, I just destroyed the joke. Keza, can you take that out? Thanks. We love you dearly. <laughs> Ron and Hermione. He has an interesting with Ron and Hermione. He has a relationship. <sighs> Stopping, Keza. Make it sound like I haven't been drinking Kool-Aid. Can I ask a general question? Since two, two a question since we have here? Sure, certainly. Well, one thing I didn't get when I read it, and Richard said I should have, so I was hoping you guys could explain it to me, was the ending. Because <laughs> I read the ending, and in all honesty, I didn't think it ended there. Like, I started refreshing it. So the rest would appear. <laughs> so, my and Richard told me, like, no, it's supposed to end there. There's a whole the joke. Continues. <laughs> I was like, where's part two? You're kidding. It oh, makes sense to me. Mike, are you kidding? It's the punchline. Yeah. <laughs> the end is that punchline. I mean, can you explain? I know, Richard told me it's the punchline. Do you explain it to me? Oh, okay. Like Ryan said, um, when we did Naked Quidditch, I feel like I'm in the room when Mike is going through puberty. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm now explaining the facts of life to Mike. <laughs> do I need to explain this as the author, or do you want to do this, Tina? <laughs> oh, it's just too fun. I want to do this. Um... <laughs> Okay. Do you remember when Ginny was reading the article about the 10 surefire ways to cure the common cold, Mike? 
Right, yeah, at the beginning. Okay. She was reading, like, there was all these different things. Do you, right, re- right, do you remember what number 10 was? Uh, let me go back and see. Oh, my God. Oh, that one, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the punchline? He said skip straight to number okay. 10. Okay, wait a minute, Mike. Okay. <laughs> she laughed out loud when she saw the article. It listed the obvious homeopathic remedies, vitamins, foods, and aromatherapies, but tucked right into number 10 was a cure she'd never seen before. Sex. I, got that, I get the joke that it's sex. I thought that was funny. I laughed. <laughs> I don't get what that to do with the end, though. Because Ron, say, because Ron is saying, skip right past one through nine. Just go for number ten. Go number ten. The rest won't be necessary. Then how do you fix the Did problem? Dum dum. Sorry. I thought the point was Ron had a cold and Harry's telling him how to fix it. Because yeah. I go to number 10. You Just tell him- skip one through nine and go right to number 10 because... But, but aren't you supposed to wait for that, like, the I'm better sex kind of... No! It's the doctor! That's mine. I I, I didn't get that, I guess. (laughs) Why am I always so stupid on these? Come on, let me ask you. You get all the tiny little nuances there is in A Song of Ice and Fire, but this little thing right here, this big, I don't think, you're a unique individual. I'm glad we have you here. So did Ginny not do one through nine either, or is Harry just... I think read? she did. She That's what I thought, but then he's saying, just tell her to skip the ten. Because Harry's a guy, and he only cares about number ten. <laughs> number ten if he didn't have one through nine first. She made him the she student. Not made never mind. I'm clearly the only one not getting. <laughs> have you had to talk yet, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> you know what goes on in number 10? Yeah, I, I get what goes on. I just don't get why you're skipping 1 through 9, because then how can you perform in 10 if you're still sick because you don't have 1 through 9? Are you sure you're male? You're a guy. It's irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> not to get too graphic, but guys can be almost on their deathbed and still. I think we had this conversation on um, a certain thread. Yeah. And that's what I was told. Yeah. True. <laughs> Have you ever seen yes. that episode of Friends? Yes. Where, um, who, who is Monica, Monica and Chandler, Chandler, and one of them's Chandler's sick. Mm-hmm. And he's going, no, and he's trying to seduce Monica. And she's like, but you're sick. Don't you want to rest? Don't you want to, you know, get better? And then he gives her the cold, and she comes out, and she tries seduce him and he's like ooh go away you've got germs <laughs> <laughs> I, get, I get that I love that episode as well I love that episode of Friends Mike, Mike look at it this way 1 through 9 don't actually do anything it's actually 10 the only thing that works why not just try it hey there's 10 ways we're going to do the 10th one anyway have you, ever, have you ever heard the concept of eating dessert first Yes. It's like that. Okay. Eat dessert first. Cut to the chase. And if dessert <laughs> makes you full, then you're all the better for it. Then you don't have to eat the rest of the meal. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe you don't get this. <laughs> I can't believe how many hundreds of reviews I've gotten off of the story off of various sites and not one person has ever said I don't get it. <laughs> Welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. This is Jen Kawamart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm P.S. 
Mike. I'm Tina. And I'm Mac pulling up the rear. Mac is pulling up the rear. Okay. Now, we thought we would start tonight's episode by telling you that Mac is back. I know it rhymes. It sounds really cool, but Mac is, in fact, back. But <laughs> something shocking happened, you know, as this episode began. Apparently, Jen was not aware of the fact that Battlestar Galactica Season 3 is now out on DVD. <laughs> so Jen's immediate first reaction is, I can't podcast tonight. I need to buy it. So right now, we are interrupting our discussion of Nightmare of Futures Past while we check to see if the apparently Fort Worth Walmart has Battlestar Galactica. Okay, hold on one second. Hold on, I've got a call. All right. Do y'all hear that? So, Mac, you've been gone for a year. You've been fighting, you know, forest fires and hurricanes, and I'm pretty sure you've saved children from wells. How are you doing? Tired, busy. As we podcast this, there's floods all across the country, and there's a good chance I will be gone again tomorrow for another three weeks. And you're spending your remaining time with us. I, what can I say? When I get to be the real it just makes my night yes, so much better. This is true. Mac is taking up the rear all evening. Jen, how's it going? Jen? <laughs> no, I feel like I feel like the guy on like the twenty four hour cable news who ha- who gets like a piece of paper. There's a hurricane in Ecuador. Do three hours on that, and you're like, okay, let's go back. Do we have Bob? Be- no, we don't have Bob. Do we have Bob? Let's try Bob. Bob? <laughs> Bob? No, we don't have Bob. Okay, um, let's go to a break, and when we come back, we'll try Bob again. Like I have Those nothing. are always so entertaining to watch. I love hurricanes. And then you put on MSNBC, and like you hear like Bob on MSNBC because he couldn't get through. <laughs> right now, I have seven people on the line and we can't talk about it because season three of Battlestar Galactic is out. Jen, why would she mute us? Yes? How many copies do you have? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you think that there will be enough copies after 11 o'clock? There ought to be. One or two. Do y'all do a reserve thing? No. Uh, okay, good. Thanks so much. Bye. Usually we start our episodes and we have the Jen story. This week I'd like to try something a little different. I would like to have me trying to explain to you the Jen story I heard this week. Because sometimes <laughs> I, oh, fi- cool. I find it funny. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking to Jen last night and she's <laughs> and she starts doing that laughing under her breath thing. Now usually when I call Jen, I'm like, Jen, how are you? Death, death, destruction, death, destruction. How are you? And then I'm like, oh, I'm having a terrible day. Um, I have to go to the laundromat and I'm, I need gas. And um, maybe I'll run to stop and shop so like i always feel like an idiot because you know jen has you know the the locusts attacking her and mac <laughs> is trying to rescue her and you know well mac is taking up the rear right now or else he would have told you that and so i call jen and i'm like so so what happened and she st- starts laughing and she says my husband woke me up this morning and says you're never going to believe what happened now i can't believe that jen does not wake up every morning with someone telling her you're not going <laughs> to believe what happened so she explains to me that there was you know bad winds rain locusts Children, children screaming, nuns flying through the air, <laughs> awful weather. And they woke up in the morning and they noticed that their mailbox was missing. Now, this is like, you know, like the Farmer Bob mailbox that goes in the lawn with the pike. And, you know, if, the, if a vampire comes by, you can, you know, shove the mailbox Why, through your heart. Mailboxes look. It doesn't have a mailbox like that. Why? Okay, Jen, not everyone lives in rural Texas. I'm just like. It's not rural. It's suburbia. I mean, my mailbox <laughs> is in a room with a bunch of other mailboxes. Jen, I have Those a question. Jen, oh, yeah, we Jen, have to have a pee thing. What? Jen, do, what? You, do you feel. You, <laughs> do, you, do you feel you live in suburbia? 
I do now. Okay, I have a question for you. Because we moved away from the country. Do you have Do you, do you have any cows? No, not anymore. <laughs> All right, well, welcome. Moving on up. All right, so they look over at James, her husband's car, and the mailbox blew out of the ground, like spinned through the it air, snapped. spun through the air, <laughs> smacked the car, and ripped off the antenna. Oh, I'm so frustrated. <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, let me get this straight. You're gonna call your insurance agent and let them know that your car got hit by a mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Not the other way around. <laughs> no. It did. The thing was laying on the trunk when James pulled me outside. And I'm like, oh, my God, who broke our mailbox? <laughs> yeah. It was someone, freaking You thought someone vandalized your property, ripped your mailbox out of the ground. Those stupid kids down the street. And those beat your car. Those emo kids, you know. Emo kids. <laughs> you someone beat your car with your mailbox. No, I didn't think they beat my car with the mailbox. I thought they tore the mailbox down and set it on the car. Why do they do that anyway? Because there's the emo. emo kids. <laughs> and pull the mailbox down. <laughs> Can I tell you something? I have to tell you something. I live in a very nice area. Like, people love where I live. I have a burglary in my house like three months ago. That's how far apart we record these episodes. And all of a sudden now, I'm trying to explain to my mother that the insurance premium on the house is going to go up. And she's like, no, it's not. I'm like, yes, it is. We live in a high crime district. Oh, no, we don't. I'm like, yes, we did. The house was just burglarized just the other day. And so she, so now she's getting used to the high crime district. Now, I live on somewhat of a main street. And a couple of kids were driving down the street. They were being punks. They must have shot like a BB at my front bow window. Because like weeks later. I, there's a li- why not? There's a, exactly, because really, there's no cows. To t- so there's a little, there's a little indentation in my, in my, in the pane of glass, and it's spied a little bit. So I have to replace the pane. So now my mother is like, she was like apoplectic after the burglary. Now she's like beside herself. They're like they're shooting at us now. We're in a war zone. So I, run, I go outside. I go outside. I go outside. She, she's out driving around doing errands. And she's like, I'm going to come by the house and can you bring the thing out to me? So whatever the, I bring the thing out to her. And she's talking to me as I'm like leaning into the car. And I'm trying to get away from her and she keeps talking. I'm like, Ma, I have to go. I'm in a very exposed position. They can pick me off. <laughs> In a couple of weeks, Danielle's going to be all set in New York, and she's moving home. So she's actually going to move in with me. She's moving into my house. I'm glad, Kim, for me, you're like, no, no, there isn't here, because she'd have issues with that. So Danielle is moving in, in with me, and now she's starting to think about it. She's like, I don't know how comfortable I feel. Because she feels like she's moving into, like, you know, the, the war zone where she can, the criminal. She, she can be shot. Well, no, then I lost power the other night. She's like, I don't feel too safe about this. She lives in New York City. She lives in New York City, but she doesn't want to move into suburbia because the entire crime district is the entire edge of my property. It's like the war zone. <laughs> So that is what's happening now. So there, well, it's funny. Uh, throwing that out there, I live in a war zone. So if you if the if you hear sniper fire in the middle of the podcast, everyone remember Jen's in charge. I can't believe you thought my mailbox story even compared to that. That was beautiful. <laughs> Your car got hit by a mailbox. No, and then just to fill in the story because we have to get to the thick tonight. Jen also then realized that her sewage system leaked all over the front of her lawn, and they uh. stepped on their newly installed hardwood floors and cracked right through the wood. So Jen. Uh was having a bit of a day. All that happened in like the first 20 <laughs> minutes of waking up. Can I just, and I'm not a good early morning person to begin with. I'm sort of the, the uh, until I have my coffee.
coffee. <laughs> Can I just tell you? <laughs> what? Jen, I have, no. I have, I have seen Jen early in the morning. She is not. Ex- <laughs> Mike, Thanks. I have a question. Mike, are you an early person? Um, I don't necessarily wake up early, but I wake up wide awake and ready to go. Right. Here's the here's the deal. When we were all in New York together, Mike lived um, a couple oh, of man, yeah of subway <laughs> shops away from where uh, Danielle's apartment was, where my friend Karen and Jen and myself um, and and Danielle um, had spent the night. You said Danielle. I'm doing the thing in my head. I'm like I'm missing someone. I don't know. Just say Daniel again. Okay. Daniel was there too. I remember seeing her. So <laughs> it's like, like, like I usually get up at like quarter of six every morning. It's like nine thirty in the morning, and we're all sleeping. And Jen's phone goes off, and we're like, "Oh, what the hell is that?" And Jen answers the phone, and she's like, "Hello." And you hear Mike on the other end. Hey, Jen, I'm outside. You, you guys, who the hell is? <laughs> But then she told me to show up at that time. I did, I thought you like, show, up at, show up at 9.30, 10 o'clock. And you hear me in the other room. I'm like, tell him to come back at 4. <laughs> and Mike's like, are you awake? I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally awake. <laughs> Poor Mike. You only it took you like another two hours, actually, so I'm impressed. For us, that was going to be damn good. That was really good. Well, people don't realize when I, when you own your business, you set your own hours. And so I don't, usually I don't even get up to go to work until, um, well, I mean, I don't open shop till about 10, Texas time. <laughs> so waking up with Danielle at like 7 New York time was like, oh, my God. It's really hard. Well, I don't know. But it was fun. The thing working with Chi and, and, and no, I'm not saying Jen's name, Chi and Jen and I working together is that I am a very early morning person on the East Coast, and they're in the, they're in the central savings time area. And they are not early people. So I'm calling Chi at like 7 in the morning. Hey, Chi, I had a great idea about the latest. Oh, look, Chi's, uh, we got disconnected. So I call her back. Speaking of which, mister, I'm going to text message you at 7.30 in the morning. And just so you know, when you text me, it, uh-huh. it rings just like you're calling. When did I text you at 7 o'clock in the morning? You texted me like last I week. And you were like, and I was like, oh, oh that I'm went through. him back. Oh, that yes. went through. Oh no! What happened? I tried to use the new delayed, defer, like deferred delivery system. What's yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> Thanks a lot. It was. It was seven a.m. New York time. Well, James was like, "What the? What is that?" And I was like, "It's Brian." He was like, "Tell him don't call this early." And I'm like, "He just texted." He was like, "I hate your boyfriend." <laughs> what? <laughs> For once in my life, I'm actually ahead. I'm up on, I'm up, I'm on like, chat. Oop, sorry. Mac, you're right? Mac is actually being mugged right here on Powerpick Weekly. Mac, you're right? I thought what? it was in the Congo. Okay, Mac is in the Congo, and he's being mugged by, who lives in the Congo? The Congonian? I'm not in the Congo. You keep telling people I'm in the Congo. I am in Peru. You're Are in you Peru? Peru. Totally different for What the hell are you doing in Peru? I thought you were in Philadelphia. He's not in Peru. <laughs> Okay. Where is Peru? <laughs> All right, we're playing Mac on Stop mute. Mac's getting a timeout for a while. Did you just ask where Peru was? I'm looking it up. Don't worry about it. Before Harry didn't go back with a flow chart saying, here's the 103 things I can do to change the world. <laughs> Harry would have gone with Yes, whatever. I would have gone back with a flow chart in the first thing. <laughs> I would do is get Horace back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, number one. <laughs> <laughs> or a slughorn in the Chamber of Secrets. But, um... <laughs> 
Good girl. It's when Harry's standing there and someone mentions we should all go and shower. And then you can just picture he shoots at the lake and there's a huge burst of water and they're all standing there and all of a sudden they just get completely drenched and they're all standing there shell-shocked. It seemed like slapstick. And I think sometimes you need that, especially if you're in a story about death and locusts. I just thought it was morbid. You thought it was morbid? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Jen, you were just in a bad mood. You ever think of that? I'm not in a bad mood. I'm in a good mood. Did your mailbox end up in your car and break your antenna off? I freaking hate the wind. (laughs) Jen was trapped in her Buddha room, too. She couldn't get out. It was awful. (laughs) I guess you have to understand that I'm a Christian to understand the humor of having a Buddha room. I guess. It was a Buddha room. It's a Buddha room. And the people who lived there before used, it's a sunroom, basically. It's off, it's a, it's another room adjoining to one of the living rooms. So they, they had their big Buddha set up there with like, they actually had like an in, it was like an in shelf in the wall with like lights at the top, like a whole lighting system. Well, you do Buddha. We don't have, well, they took Buddha with them. They just left the Buddha hole. So they haven't decided, well, we're, I think we're just going to drywall it up. Not sure what we're going to do. But um, anyway, it, it's stuck. The name's stuck. So now we have a Buddha room. You could put a shrine in there. Of what? I mean, we're not even I suggest doing me, but your, your husband would kill you. Can you put a shrine of, um, how about Draco and leather? Now that is a possibility. Uh, oh you know how to say it right about that one. I do have to say it. So no one else thought it was humorous when a wall of water falls on the kids and they're just standing there. I did. There. I know, but Mike, you didn't get what one through nine meant. When I was a kid, it's amazing I didn't get my parents arrested for child abuse because I would do this thing where, like, I would be wandering around in a retail store, and my father would walk over and put his hand on my shoulder to, like, guide me back, and I would, like, fall to the ground and be like, stop hitting me! You always hit me! And he'd be standing surrounded by, like, mall security. And, like, um, or my other favorite was you're not my daddy. That one went over exceptionally. Oh my God, right. But, um... What? Are you serious? I was three. What the hell do I? I was trying to beat the system. I could have busted your butt. <laughs> that wouldn't help. If I'm like, you're not my daddy, and he starts beating me in the middle of the <laughs> But, um... <laughs> <laughs> I, was not, I was not the easiest three-year-old to apparently raise. Andy and Ron. Uh, oh, God, don't even go there, Mike. What about Slughorn? <laughs> oh, my God, Jen's going after Horace. Everyone else, back away. <laughs> I'm sorry, I really think he's just gross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. He going to kill you. Okay, not young Horace, because uh, he may have been a sexy thing. But old Horace is slug-like, and to me... <laughs> That's You're fine, whatever. I can <laughs> I, I, I made a halfway inroad. Hey, I admitted he could be cute in his youth. <laughs> Thank you. First time I ever read Slughorn, I got this mental image of Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, I mean, Joel, he was one of the people that have to be craned out of their houses. To- <laughs> He's the guy from Springer. I just, I'm just seeing red right now. I need to make a life change. You people are insane. <laughs> We're really offending BS. This is someone amazing. It's like gripping the arms of her chair, like this death grip with her knuckles going white. All right, PS. I might PS, go. defend Horace. Go. He's awesome. <laughs> Why is that? He just is. You put me on the spot. I can't do it. Oh, I'm sorry. I asked you to analyze Harry Potter on this podcast of all places. My I bad. did it on that peon cast episode. If it, if it doesn't get cut out, because it's not exactly on topic for the pick. <laughs> 
I love that the peons <laughs> are coming into the same problems that we're having. And I, I, I get Gen 2 and Keza on my side. Defense really? All three of us against Richard. Is Slutty gay? <laughs> is Richard gay? No! <laughs> 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 Sorry, Richard! Yes, he is! Richard is very straight. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it doesn't say, but he could be. I didn't know. I didn't know if that was if that was a memory or did I just think of that that you wrote. I just said the message to Richard saying we inadvertently just turned you into a homosexual. Very sorry. <laughs> I mean, Jen, there's no memory of like him having sex with a man. I mean, like Harry, maybe even like on the way to get him talking to Tom. I mean, like wrong memory. Sorry, guys. Horace, <laughs> the fit challenge. Oh, yeah. I thought oh, I would yes. pull numbers for myself, and the numbers were Horace and Albus. So you have to write a fic about Horace and Albus. That is just, so I, I basically, I have to write my favorite ship. That's your favorite I, ship, Horace I, and yeah. Dumbledore? You are so evil. I got Millicent and uh, Conk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Richard what wants to know how that happened. How did uh, that happen? Tell him, tell him Jen can't tell the difference between him no, and Horace. No, because he'll get... No, I'll talk to him later. Say, Jen, we'll talk to you later. Wink, wink. Hey, Jen, what do you know? Me and Neville? Oh, you and Neville. Oh, I thought we were still on me and Luna. Jen, are you dead? Neville? What? I can't hear... I didn't hear what he said. Wait, you like Neville, Jen? No. You. Ryan, you. Ryan, were you guys actually on topic when I left? No, I'll message from Richard. If you're going to make me gay, at least set me up with someone attractive. I'm just picturing <laughs> Harry running around the lake, and he's in the lead, right? So he runs I past the camera, <laughs> and then oh, and then Ron and then Ron and Hermione are like, it's, they're like, what the hell's up with the new guy? <laughs> and they keep like running. And, like, by, like, the third installment of it, like, Dumbledore looks out his office window and, like, all of the six years are running around the lake. He's like, I didn't know we had a track team. What the Yeah, I'm lucky if I can get my 12-year-old outside to ride her bike for crying out loud, you know? I had a piece of Calzone for lunch today. and I didn't even go. Like, we usually go for walks around the square of the city where I work at lunch. And today I'm like, oh, you know, that's such a lot. I think it's sprinkling us. <laughs> I don't want to go. Exactly. And then I'm reading this, it's like sixth graders like, <gasps> I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I could do more. Can anyone picture P.S. at the gym at 5.30 in the morning with her flow chart? <laughs> like going, I am going to be on the treadmill, the treadmill until for... quarter of eight. I can't deny it. And it's laminated. Do you go to the gym at 5.30 laminated. in the morning? No, no, I don't go to the gym at 5.30 in the morning. Who wakes up at 5.30? Oh, my God. When you go to the gym, do you bring a chart with you? No, but I bring things to clean the machines with. Oh, you're a lane with the back I found that section. You guys weren't exaggerating at all about Molly. Like, not even a little bit. She, she, like, she's freaking evil in this. She pretty much calls, like, Ginny a whore, almost. I know Harry does. It's like a, it's like a only shocking Only an awful statement. person would take advantage of all the bad luck Harry has had. Only a really selfish person. Oh, my God. Her of kids. And then she browbeats her. It's like, Molly, uh, and Ginny's like, he bought me some robes because mine had holes in them. It's just like, oh, my God. Sorry, you can't provide for me like a mother should. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> you know, Harry's paying the mortgage payment. <laughs> He's, like, adding a security system. <laughs> I've got ADT coming at four. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just 
tell you? Can I just tell you? Because of the break into my house, we just got a new alarm system. I wasn't here when it was installed. Oh, no. Like, don't tell my mother I told you this, but she called me at work today to ask how double spacing works. She called me last week to ask how email works. Like, well, my mother doesn't. My, I have to tell you what my mother did. She doesn't know how double spacing works either. Yeah. So she had, like, a, she had a document that she needed to double space. So she sat there and she hit enter after enter. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are we talking, like, double space between typing letters? Yeah, like in letters when you said to double space. My mother didn't know what the thing was. But my mother was here and they explained to my mother how the new alarm system works and all that. Oh, God, help you. But, so I had to, so I asked her. She couldn't remember anything. So I turned the alarm on while we're in the house. I didn't know how to turn it off. So we're standing there, like, pressed up against the wall. So we're not going to trigger the motion detector as I'm trying to read the manual without moving my, like, oh, it was really bad. I got trapped in my own home. But yeah, Harry's like, yeah, ABT's coming at four, and um, I'm going to pick up the mortgage payment this month, and I bought Jeannie a new shirt, and Molly's like, I hate you. <laughs> She's like, I don't know, it's kind of weird. Is this the same girlfriend? Ooh. Yes. What? Yes, it's the same girlfriend. I'm a, well, I'm not really a one-woman kind of guy, but I'm a pretty long-term kind of guy. One woman at a time kind of guy? Mm. I'm so glad that y'all are still together. I remember when y'all first got together. <laughs> I love, I love Jen's comment. Did you break up? <laughs> no, that's not what I mean I was going to talk about her if he broke up with her, and then I'd feel terrible. <laughs> what? You can't let blame <laughs> Karma. <laughs> it's because oh, you I got rid of the Buddha room. <laughs> oh, my God. She gets rid of the Buddha. All of a sudden, a mailbox flies over the house. Try this date, Jen. It'll help. This is the weirdest podcast. <laughs> and yeah. nobody's on drugs. This is what happens, unfortunately, when we don't take drugs during the podcast. All right. With that, we are going to bed. We'll see you all back next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Night. Bye. Jen, come back and say goodnight. <laughs> I just realized something. What? what? When I host this, I can see my own name. Well, that's what happens when you host an episode. It's like you have your big boy pants on today. <laughs> Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Peoncast. I'm P.S. Tonight, our fic is the The Dumbledore's Army Drabble Series by Canby. I thought I was going to pee my pants at about 2.30 this morning. Did you say sharing or shearing? Shearing. We were shearing the sh- Oh, okay. I thought like I thought I heard you say sharing. Sharing. Like, Here we share? are. No, he didn't want to share the sheep. Was he like yours? That was the whole problem. He didn't want to share it. Here sheep. we are again. Back <laughs> again to vowel sounds. What was it yesterday? P.S. <laughs> had to translate. How to speak Australian. I, I still don't know what that was that you just said. Evaporative air conditioning. You don't know what that is. All I hear is evaporative. A, 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 I, I have to translate it into American. <laughs> it's evaporative. <laughs> I could hear like the, the, the air conditioning. I tell you who's fallen out of favour in Australia and probably the rest of the world, but Tom Cruise. Because when he dumped Nicole Kidman, that was it. You know, all the rest of the couch jumping and the rubbish, irrelevant. Absolutely. He dumped Nicole Kidman? No, no more. You no have more to be Tom. retarded to dump Nicole Kidman. Tom Cruise, especially for Katie Holmes, but anyway. You just well. don't. You just. I was angry at him for dumping Nicole Kidman. I would do Nicole Kidman. He used to. <laughs> That's who you turn gay for. I turn gay for Nicole Kidman. <laughs> That's who he used to be Australia's favourite son-in-law not anymore
<laughs> I'd turn gay for Nicole Kidman. I would. Good. I would. Well, good on you for admitting it and backing me up, cuz. <laughs> She's hot. She is. She is She's hot. hot. I'm not afraid to admit it. Who's hotter? Naomi Watts is hotter. Oh, she's pretty hot too. I'd do her as well. Naomi Watts. I wonder if we can get a Tom Cruise to come on the next video. He might I have. doubt he's read the fic. I bet he has. I have a feeling he's sitting there just like, I don't know if he's reading necessarily Harry Potter. He's doing some crazy ridiculous <laughs> thing or like building huge mass model trains or something just really off the wall. <laughs> then he can start model one of those, train cast. I used to have a thing for model trains. and You, know, you ever play with the little Richard. cars that you maybe, I don't know, might be kind of, yeah, okay. <laughs> And welcome back to Butterfig Weekly. This is Ryan, and everyone else is laughing. Nineteen. Uh, I'm Julia. I'm Jen too. Jen, did you say hi yet? I said she hi. She, had... she said it right after you. I ain't here. All right, we have to do I it again now because I just I just screwed it up. And welcome back to Butterfig Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. Oh wait. Oh God, don't. <laughs> Got premature ejaculation over here. All right, and welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. everyone. This is Ryan. He's getting married. Hi! <laughs> Let's listen. I do. I do. And I just turn around and glare. <laughs> Jen, a million points for Raving Spot if you actually do that at his wedding. Well, Jen will have the no, camera, so I'll be yeah. chasing her and he'll be like, I'll be running at the you camera. <laughs> and welcome back to Powerfake Weekly. This is Ryan. <laughs> Record the podcast. <laughs> All right, and then she said hi. Who's next? <laughs> I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go you. Somebody, are you okay? <laughs> drink ice. <laughs> 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 Somebody introduce drink ice. Hi, <laughs> That was awkward. Um, who else is here? Oh, I'm here. <laughs> who are you? <laughs> I forgot. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> okay, that's Julia. She forgot her name for a moment. And introducing. <laughs> No, the other one. <laughs> I'm Jen too. We have two Jens. I swear to God, what? Everyone's writing in. You know what? Your podcast is great, but we don't think there's enough Jen. So instead of giving her more lines, we just added a second Jen, <laughs> which Yay. is safe because if you know what happens to the first Jen every week, you'd always want to have a backup just in case. <laughs> point this out because this conversation I have with Jen today sums up my entire friendship with Jen. This is my relationship with Jen in 30 seconds, but it actually happens. This is verbatim. This is, this is absolutely <laughs> verbatim. verbatim. I ca- okay. Jen called me and I'm like, hi, what's up? Oh, hi, how are you? I just want, I, I'm rushing around. I just want you to know I, I was in the hospital today. I'm like, oh God, now what the hell did you do? She's like, it was fine. I couldn't breathe. I'm good. I'm fine now. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. And as she's telling me this, you hear 
here. Man, boy, and someone's talking to her in the background. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, oh, sorry, both of my taillights are out. What were you just saying? Like, I've been sick, obviously, from last week's recording. I was, like, choking up a lung or the, both of them. And I have a, a res- respiratory infection, I guess. So I went to the allergist, and I was like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And he's like, here's a shot in your butt, which didn't help at all. So today, that was yesterday. So today, I, like, I, I taught, and at 3 o'clock today, I was like, this is enough. I can't breathe. So I went to, uh, I called the doctor and tried to get in, and they said, well, if you can't breathe, you just need to go to the emergency room. I said, thanks a lot for nothing. So I went to the emergency room, and um, I was like, I can't breathe. And they were like, it's probably reflex uh, that's from all the new medication we're putting you on. So instead of instead of taking me off some of the things, they just added reflex medicine yeah. to it. <laughs> so yeah. I had to go. To, so I was, I was calling Ryan, and I'm like, I'm going to Walmart to pick up the dang thing, prescription so I can breathe during the podcast. Got to pick up dinner, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And while I was doing that, that's when the guy pulled over, and he was like, ma'am, do you know you had a tail lot out? And I was like, no, I didn't. Thanks a lot, sir. And Ryan just, like, burst out laughing. I was like, what? <laughs> He's being a Citizen. <laughs> Jen calls me the other day to tell me she's been diagnosed with something new. And my exact response Jen? was, thank God. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, Jen, I feel bad because I know when you call me and tell me these bad things happen, you're looking for some type of sympathy. And my first question is always going to be, my, no, well, not sympathy, but when, when you say I have something, you know, wrong with me, you don't expect, Usually the, per- well. Well, you don't expect the other person to start laughing at you. Like you expect some type of human like compassion. you have done in the past. So, oh. yeah, so when you she calls me, I'm like, oh, that's good. Oh, good, good. And she's like, well, I'm like, Jen, do you have more than four months to live? She's like, yes. I'm like, then I don't care whatever you have. I can live with it. We found, out, we found out why I've been having hives, which is a good thing. So it was exciting. And I was calling to let him know how excited I was. We're having a party. But, but, then, my aunt, but then my aunt died. And so I was like, oh. Literally, I'm like, what else is new? Is there anything good? Anything else happened? Well, my aunt I have died. hives. My aunt died. I know. So it's been a little chaotic this week. Is Yellowstone still intact? Yellowstone apparently is still there. Oh, I've been watching Heroes. I've been watching Heroes. Yay, do you love it? I love it, but I'm not feeling so good about that whole New York visitation thing every couple weeks. I may have to We have to talk. Well, not right now. We're doing a podcast. Maybe later. Okay. Okay, okay, maybe later. All right. I'm not going to lie. When I was in Kansas. Oh, God, they talk like each other now. What is that? I'm not going to lie. Because we we vi- I visited Lady Chi. Yes. I went to Kansas and I spent the weekend with Chi. Yay! And I'm not gonna lie. While I was there, I was very very afraid because I live in Connecticut and New England is pretty far away from Yellowstone, but Kansas is a lot closer. And so I was really afraid. <laughs> when I was there, that if Yellowstone blew up, I was probably gonna be among the first to die. Well, no, you wouldn't be around the first. Robert from Spellcast would have been the first to go. I mean, you could have like ducked under like an old schoolhouse. Or something That's true. It. I could have hid. I could have hid behind Chi. In like six hundred and twenty thousand years. Oh my God, Chi! Did you get the email about the man who's having a baby? I did. Um, what's her name? Um, I don't even know. Apparently, something comes up in the podcast later in Peoncast tonight, Gen Two. Peoncast yes. episode four later tonight is yes. something about Mpreg that you know maybe that comes up. Um, actually, is it? It's. I don't think it's episode four. I think it's episode five. Okay, and then up coming episode of, of Peoncast, um, the, the peons tackle male pregnancy because really, you know, childhood obesity, <laughs> drug use, you know, 
those things that we think, we think they have too much federal funding already. So Potterfic Weekly is focusing on the on the forgotten issues that are plaguing America's youth, like the actually, and actually, we wouldn't have re- really have even had to go there if it wouldn't wasn't for Mike. Well, not we don't go anywhere if it's not for Mike. It's like Jen. Jen is the reason we have to go to court all the time, and Mike is the reason we have to discuss. Well, to bail you out here, she. How's the toilet? Yes, yes. toilet. Right, no, toilet no. is fine. Sink is not so good. Okay. So on the night that uh, Julia left, Julia left me, I, I had to go to work and I came back and um, I have a friend named Scott and I was going to go over to his house. And so I was like, you know, throwing my clothes off and trying to get dressed and there's oh, this I knock on my door. I, I, I heard that differently. I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> sorry. And, and I was throwing and, my clothes off before going over to Scott. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, so he like, there's a knock on my door and I thought it was Scott because he dropped me off from work. And I was like, what are you doing? And I threw open the door and it's the lady next door that doesn't speak English. And I was like, Because <laughs> <laughs> I speak like three words of Spanish and she speaks like three words of English so usually we can make it work. Uh-oh. All we have to say you is can like, say, like uh, how's the bread? And that's really all. No, I can say, I can say, dos mas cervezos, por favor, which is two more And donde esta los baños, which is where's the bathroom, which is really all you need. So, so, like, so she's like knocking on my door, and she's like, she's like, see? And then she does this movement with her hands, like one hand goes up, the other hand goes down, back and forth. And I was like, sink does sink is moving. We're having an earthquake. Like, she's like, she's like, she's like, she's like, she's like, and I was like, do you want me to come look at your sink? And she's like, see, see, see. So I was like, shit. And I went next door and Wait, I, I looked at sink. and a t-shirt on. And so oh, I went okay. over I was like, I saw and there's like three inches of the nastiest water you ever did see in her sink. And I was like, <laughs> what is girls. this? And it was like, and we have double sinks. So there's, there's two of them, two, exactly the same level yeah, of water. So I, double. so I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I flipped, I flipped on the, um, the garbage disposal and it was really neat because all the water on one side went to the other side and I turned it off. I was like, oh, and then it came like back down to level. <laughs> she, <laughs> she ruins this one with the barbecue. <laughs> and Take of the bath sink. This is the what? kitchen sink. Garbage disposal in her bathroom. Why is the garbage disposal in the bathroom? I was thinking it was a bathroom sink, but then the mention of the garbage disposal made me question that, that thought. No, the double sink in my kitchen. Why is this woman coming to you with her plumbing problem? It's okay. Like, the She's like the worst plumber ever. <laughs> I know. Her husband, who, who speaks like 15 words of English, comes out, and he's like, he explained to me through a mixture of Spanish and English, and I can speak, I can kind of sort of understand Spanish, because my sister speaks yeah. it a lot, Everyone and my roommate speaks it really well. I can understand it, I just can't speak it really well. And so she, he explains to me that the management company has told him that all the plumbing in the apartments are connected, so like, if you, his sink is blocked up, there's a good likelihood that my sink is blocked up, too. And I was like, well, That's shit. the worst design ever. 
I walked over and sure enough, there's like the same amount of water in my sinks as there was in this woman's sink. I was like, shit. Who built this building? I don't know. Dumb and dumber. And so they, they, they can't make themselves understood to the maintenance guy. So they had me call him and he loves me. <laughs> Let me tell you. Hold on. Is this the same guy that replaced your toilet four times? <laughs> yeah, it's the same guy. <laughs> I just do like a montage of cheese plumbing issues. Like he comes, he comes over and I give him pizza and we have conversations. He's here all the time. So Is he around like, your age? Uh, yeah, he's a little bit older than me. So I called okay. the maintenance Is guy. Is this like a potential like, Lord Chia or is this not really going to No, not even. He'd have to learn how to wear a belt. Let's just put it that way. So, <laughs> he's a bummer. They're a pre-white Exactly. So he, I called him and he's like, well, you know, whoever designed these buildings was a real genius. And I was like, yeah, there seems to be a lot of that going around lately because he's not very smart. He looks up at me and I swear to God, this is what he said. He goes, it looks like your trap is broken. Do you have an extra state trap? And I looked at him and I was like, what is this? Sink trap. What the hell is sink trap? It's like a bear trap. Do I look like somebody that has sink traps lying around? I live somewhere with 24 hour maintenance if I knew what a sink trap was. Why are we doing this? We're doing a podcast. Really, is it like a bear trap? No, like yes, there's a bear <laughs> trap underneath the sink. This, I have to say, Itai is like my greatest contribution to Puffwa. <laughs> I'm on Puffwa all the time. Head of house, I have like the fourth most posts. And what's my greatest contribution to this place? Itai. Oh, you know him? Yeah. Oh, you didn't know this? Yeah, Itai. I didn't know you know know him. I, I knew. <laughs> I know Itai. Itai and I, are, Itai and I are friends from before Puffwa. And we discovered that um, we were both into Harry Potter. And so I immediately tried to get him to read after the end. And then work? he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> he literally ignored me when I kept talking about after the end. He ignored me for two years. Two years later, I discovered Pottercast. I was like, Itai, oh my god, I found the greatest thing ever. You have to listen to this thing. It's called Pottercast. You're going to love it. It's They talk about Harry Potter in your iPod. It's amazing. You're going to love it. <laughs> That's like how I explain email to my mother. Well, Ryan like, explained what a podcast was to me. I was like, what's the After we're hosting Barvik Weekly, I do explain yeah, yeah. what a podcast is. I told him, like, Itai, just, just trust me. And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, when I get time, whatever. All right. A couple months later, I get a call one day from him. And I'm like, and he goes, Julia. Oh my God! I finally listened to Pottercast, and I'm like, freaking took you long enough. And he goes, this is uh, amazing. How did you let me live without this for so long? <laughs> I'm like, you idiot. I've been telling you for three months telling you to listen. And to listen, and finally you listen to me, and then you blame me for not letting you in the, on the secret earlier. Thanks, love. So, and he's right after fine. the end. Not yet. This was, I can't this believe was, that. I was telling him then that I, I was listening to this other podcast called Potterfig Weekly. And the first thing he says to me is, how many episodes do I have to listen to to catch up? And I was like, no. He goes, what do you mean, no? I'm like, no. He goes, uh, okay. I'm like, you're not allowed to listen to Potiphar Weekly until you read After the End. And he goes, what's After the End? I'm like, that fic I've been bugging you to read for the past three years that I've been telling you is the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, that one. He goes, oh. We are the funnest group of people anywhere. Albus, you idiot! This just Slytherins were trying to get him to, to knock him I out of the game, and you just accomplished their goal. And they totally are sleeping together. You're right. Melinda okay, Leo <laughs> thinks they're sleeping together. Can we just be clear on this, Melinda okay, Leo? That's just Melinda is a brilliant woman, and so everything she says, I agree with. Yes. And the, for those of you, <laughs> yes, they are. Him to working gay. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, oh crap, forgot about that. That's okay, right. it was before we knew this. Crap, forgot about that. All right, moving Wait, on. Wait, she says that he's gay? Joe Rowling says that he's gay. Yeah, I don't know what she's about. about. He's freaking <laughs> <laughs> We love you. Jen, Jen, one, 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 just high-heeled buckled shoes and purple ropes. He, he's gay. He's not a leprechaun. He doesn't, have, no? he doesn't have high heel shoes on, does he? <laughs> he does, he little first, dog. Even at first, look at the very the first very description. First book, the very first it's description you ever see of him, he has on he has on high buckled boots and purple suit. Dumbledore's wearing high heels in, in the first movie? Yeah, yeah in the first book. Inside. And let's not forget that purple pimp suit he wears when he goes to yeah. visit, like, young Hello. Tom Riddle. Who missed that? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, who I said it to, I'm like, a man knows way too much about how to dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> be anything well, but. Did you picture that Harry walking into Dumbledore's office for the first time and he sees all of the devices <laughs> everywhere and Dumbledore comes walking down from his giant high cathedral like desk and chair saying my office is fabulous <laughs> I was actually just thinking have you ever seen the movie In and Out yeah. with Kevin Klein? Yes. okay you know that scene where he like is trying to convince himself that he's not gay and so he puts he puts on this tape of um like disco-ness and the tape is telling him like stop that dancing stop that you pansy stop it <laughs> just imagine Dumbledore doing that and Harry walking in <laughs> what is going on here that's oh, why we God. have fans Fiction. So we get on the plane, and then they had to get the wings de-iced. So that took, like, another 20 oh minutes. De-iced? You get out there de-iced. with, like, a scraper? My chapter 30 notes are my favorite. They open with, Gran is a bitch. Perhaps she's pregnant. I literally almost drove my car. Like, I say every Again? Week, I almost drove. I, I know. He's through, a reckless driver. I drove through. Ryan, I want to get in the car with you. I drove Danielle, through. Danielle, you should hear Danielle talk. I drove <laughs> into the fast lane ramp at, at the turnpike. I don't Do you have, have a fast lane? No, I don't. Ryan <laughs> did that once. Wait, don't have the Ryan, fast was this, wait, Ryan, was this on the mass pike on the part with, with, with the V? No, this was uh, the, where was I? It was at the Worcester Auburn. Exit. Yes, dude, that is exactly that is exactly where my friend did the exact same thing. Can we just bitch about the turnpike for a minute? They've got like oh, eight, they've got eight lanes, and one of them will take cars that want to pay with cash, and it's on the oh, far God. side of the highway, so you have to put your little blinker on. Brian stands for in Johnson County. <laughs> That it came out of the factory off. that way. I was driving, <laughs> yeah. I, you have to drive like perpendicular across the highway because there's no way you, you don't have enough oh space God. to get over. I had, so let me tell you, my friend Jeff, my friend Jeff Pack and I were driving to Worcester, and we got to that part, and he gets into the easy fast lane without an easy pass. He then proceeds to say, "Please excuse me." Backs off <laughs> into like, the correct lane, messing up traffic for God only knows how long. Like I had to stop my car and hand money to the guy, but it, it was and I. I felt like saying, I'm so sorry, Dumbledore just tried to obliviate Harry, and you have no idea how bad that's going to work out. Maybe when the borough blew up, it kind of had the Yellowstone effect and took out all of Ottery St. Catchpole. Yellowstone is real. Uh. It's going to happen. This is horrific. I feel like we're being blasphemous towards the super volcano. In like, like 650,000 years, though. No, not- this is 650,000 years from when it happened. Like, like it's any day. Any so day. did we ever finish talking about Snape? Someone's mic just fall in the washing machine. What? Yeah, <laughs> Julia. What is going on? What is this? Julia? <laughs> I put it in the dryer. <laughs> Julia. Julia, are you all right? Are you in a tornado? <laughs>
Hold on. She's got a stone blow up already! <laughs> it's a shockwave approaching. Is it a tsunami? Wait, can you guys hear me right now? Yeah, but you sound like... You're in a tunnel, dude. I have. Okay, fine. My headset decided to suck. So now I'm on the, what do you call it? And I'm going to be right back. I'm going to get my other mic. Hold on. Uh, okay. Don't go. <laughs> After these messages, we'll be right back. Can you guys hear me now? You sound exactly the same. I do? Yeah. Are you standing across the room? It's like open mic night. Just start singing, Julia. When I was young, all by myself. Let's try and put Chi back in, because Chi is the voice of and reason. She's like, I hate my sing. She was so violent towards the sink, though. Tonight has been really fun. I've enjoyed it. Chi, you there? I'm here. Wait, do I sound like I'm across the room? You really do. Oh, you sound like you're in a I cave. Don't it's like karaoke night, dude. Just sing. <laughs> I'm sitting here. I have three different mics. There's the mic that comes in my computer, and I have two headsets. You know what? She has, like, like, a whole sound system. I don't have a sound system. Hold on. <laughs> She sounds a little aggravated. <laughs> it's <laughs> your fault. It's Jen's boat here. Hey, you sound crappy. How you doing? <laughs> Are you a little cranky? <laughs> I'm sorry. Jen's like, I couldn't breathe earlier today. It had to be husband locked. I don't care if I offend you anymore. I'm just tired. Like. <laughs> so what did I miss? <laughs> No, seriously. Well, my computer was stupid. What did I miss? Gen 2 had a profound point, and then Julia threw her microphone into the... I'm sorry. You're just going to have to hear me, like... (laughs) 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 Crack. What I want to know is, why did it sound like it was going through a tumbler? Julia, did it? Did a tornado come through? I already asked that. I love how she oh, sorry. Space. You know it's a bad sign when she pulls you aside and says that your microphone falls. I'm sitting here. I have a headset. It's plugged in. I'm in a dryer. I may or may not be waiting for dryer six. Oh, no. Perfect Weekly's going to be here while I get pulled over. You're getting pulled over? You're getting pulled over? Are you getting pulled over? He's looking. He's looking. No, no, no. Are you getting pulled over? It's because of my tail light. Oh, God. You're getting pulled over? I am. Leave the phone in the seat. Leave the phone in the seat. Press the speaker. Now, now, be a t- good time to tell you your breathing is very loud. The cop will hear it. <laughs> please, please, everyone, please for my toe. everyone, stay really quiet. Okay. Get pulled over more than anybody I know. You have to appreciate the fact that I was talking about the tail light in the beginning of the podcast, and now it's the end of the podcast. It's like a little bookend. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Why are we You told us to be quiet. Oh. <laughs> Not helping. <laughs> 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 
kind of boring because it's like an audio medium. I'm telling everyone to be quiet, but still. I wonder why do they always like take for freaking ever? Because they're because running, running your the plates. computer. Yeah, I'd be sitting there like. Thank God this wasn't she when she had that warrant for over arrest for four Seriously, those were the days. That was last week. Now was a convict. Mm, felon, whatever. They're putting so, guns place and they're finding out that she's been pulled over 27 times in the last... Jen, did you ever change your last name and your license? Jen? I think she put the phone down. I think if I yelled it really loud, she'd hear it. Maybe. Uh, this is so much better than the Morning Myrtles concert, but don't tell the Morning Myrtles oh, I said that. Oh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you just got pulled over on the punk. I know! It's for you to tell <laughs> You guys, you realize you're going 34 to 30. You got pulled over. Oh, come on. Yeah, I got pulled over for the headlight, and then I was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, officer. Really, I didn't, I didn't realize it." And he was like, "Just watch for next job." Welcome to Peon Cast. I am your host, Mr. Michael. I am P.S. I'm Jen Two. I'm Keza. And I'm Richard One. <laughs> Richard One. Uh. I suppose I'm P.S. One. Actually, I had a P.S. One one time, but I sold it. I, I only have a P.S. Two, and I'm not going to get a P.S. Three until they stop making games for P.S. Two. So I played a game in this space. Oh. It's called Quidditch. We're superstars on the reproductive scale. There's seven children, six of them are male. Bill, Charlie, Fred, and George, Ron, and Jenny. Percy is still my son, but he's a total mini. <laughs> it all comes down to love, and that's what keeps me here with you. With you by my side, I'm ready to fight you know who. For now, let's forget the world and have a romantic dinner. And smile, remembering the days when I was dinner. <laughs> Molly, this is what you call me when we're alone together. Molly wobbles when you say it. I know you'll be mine forever. You may not be the minister of magic, but you're quite happy with your simple muggle gadgets. <laughs> that was much with you way back in school. Sneaking around, you probably broke every rule. It all comes down to love, and that's what keeps me here with you. With you by my side, I'm ready to fight you-know-who. Thank God Harry dreamed of your snake attack. I would have died knowing I'd never have you back. Molly Wobbles is what you call me when we're all (laughs) alone together. Molly Wobbles when you say it. I know you'll be mine forever. This is the strangest episode episode Parfait Weekly has ever had, and I want you to all think about that statement for a moment. That that is saying a lot. It wasn't my fault! Ryan has his super grumpy pants on. 
Apparently, for those of you who don't know, um, usually Huggles is Huggles. He's he's pretty, you know, laid back and let's all hug each other and smoke a peace pipe and it'll all be fine. But he's had kind of a rough day, <laughs> so he's taking a mental health day, and I'm We're in charge. Well, Ryan, if you're gonna give scheduling notes, come on the call. I mean, sorry, I just dropped the other call. <laughs> The definition of a whore. The person who eats the last brownie. Uh, we'd have to check Webster's on that. When I was seven, we were in England, and we went to this um, place. It's called Longleat, and it's got um, giraffes and lions and stuff there. And you, what you do is you get in your car, and you drive around, and you see them. Like one of the, I think it was Mountbatten, some, like, lord person had all these animals there and put them in his park and stuff. And then you pay the money, and you drive your car through, and you can do it. And they tell you not to stop the car because there's monkeys there, and they come, and, like, you're not allowed to get out because the lions will eat you and stuff. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so, but we stopped the car to watch this monkey giving birth, right? It had just given birth and, and like, was still attached to the mother and stuff. And we're, like, you know, having an educational moment. And the next thing we know, these monkeys are all jumping on the car. And you know that stuff that holds the windows in of the car? Yeah. They're, like, picking at that foamy stuff. That, and they're pulling it out of the oh, thing God. so they can, like, <laughs> watch the windows in. And, like, Dad had to floor it. <laughs> <laughs> and they all look like like you should jump off, you know, because they were like trying to get in the car. They're like vicious little things. I remember one time we were visiting my aunt in Florida, so it must be some Florida zoo, like Miami or something, the Australian Animal Park. And my, I don't even remember this, but my mom keeps telling this story of like we were walking through it. I was like three or something, and this kangaroo like shoots across the path and knocks me over, and then Ooh. just keeps hopping. I mean, it's this <laughs> kangaroo. Have you seen? Okay, that makes me think of that cartoon with the boxing kangaroo, like it's the Looney Tunes. I keep getting this image in my head. You know, P.S. That character anime character you use for your avatar to where you are. I just keep getting that image of like that person getting punched in the face. <laughs> like a dark elf from some island comes and takes Harry away to learn to be a mage. Yeah. 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 That's like the worst, got- that is like the worst possible fanfic plot that you could throw at me. You know, I, mean, like, I think I've read that. I want to talk about the super hairy Dementor attack at the beginning of Chapter 31. <laughs> the Accio Dementor really work? Well, I don't understand why you would want it. Like, you vile thing that makes me remember my mother's death. Come closer. Like, Well, he is trying to slam him into the wards. He doesn't actually yeah. think it's going to get to him, but it does sound the stupidest thing ever. Yeah. Okay, that like Accio Hagrid, remember? <laughs> oh my god, as help anything. As, read, oh. as soon as I read the words Accio Hagrid, I was like, Hagrid's dead body is going to come up and smash out. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Timber! You're supposed to cry at this part, so we were, like, getting ready to cry, and this chick sitting next to us starts crying and snorting. She was like... <laughs> so we crack up laughing in this really sad death scene. <laughs> and we cracking up laughing our heads off in the cinema, and everyone is turning around to look at us because we're ruining their, their moment. 
I hate Family Guy. Is it the one with that stupid little baby that goes around yes, killing Family Guy? Yes. Okay, because there's this other one, American Dad, and yeah. I get them mixed up, and I just like because they look the same. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just the same. But that people. little baby annoys me intensely because that's on before Lost here. You see, so uh-huh. I sit down ready for Lost, and I set up my computer because I watch it with Joe, and we put the DVD on, and I put the TV on, and we watch it and make fun of the Lost people, and <laughs> I sit. <laughs> they do some crazy things. I sit there, and I have to sit through the end of this stupid little killing baby first, and it's just like, oh, this is just. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Neville's grandmother is a raging bitch. <laughs> Hormone replacement therapy? As you are my legal guardian, humiliating me is well within your rights, but that stops when you drag my friends into it. Like, is he a lawyer now or something? He's 13. And Honestly, what? other than myself, I don't know any 13-year-old that speaks like that. I mean, I did because I'm strange and I'm a freak. I see the word slughorn and I'm like, is he good or is he a bagel? You guys grew up without cell phones, so... Uh, you're talking about how old I am. Uh, please don't do that. I wish I mentioned that, but what does a dinosaur look like? I want to know. Oh. I will have you know that there were mobile... My ex-husband had a car phone. Thank you very much. It was attached in his car. Yes, I and remember And it was one of those. the first mobile phones that I ever saw. Not a true mobile, because it was attached to the car. <laughs> it was a car phone, yeah. And I remember we started going out and we were living in different cities and I was about to move to that city and we hooked up just before I moved. Completely unrelated, it just was coincidence. And I came home and I remember saying to my parents, he's got a phone in his car and everyone was like, oh, wow. I don't think yeah. Harry would say expedited any more than Neville would say legal guardian. And we looked up mannequin in the dictionary. We did. It's okay for Dobby to be a mannequin. I wouldn't personally use that word, but he is a mannequin. Mm. Because Dobby isn't in a department store modeling clothes. <laughs> so, like, Hufflepuff needs an Australian when we They really complete one. your house. To make yeah. it even. Yeah, I mean, everyone deserves an Australian. Even. You, need, you need a Aust- token Australian. Hello, Australian <laughs> listener out there. You need to come join the forums. Get to sort you into Hufflepuff, and then my OCD will rest. Toy boat, toy boat, toy boat, toy boat, toy boat, toy boat. Toy boat. She toy sells boat. seashells by the seashore. Seashells, she. <laughs> she. Peter Piper picks a pick a pickle, pick pick to Peter Piper. Get a pickle, pe- pick a pepper, pick a. All right, all right. All right. <laughs> all right, guys. Here's one that actually. Peppers did Peter Piper pick. Here's, yes, one that actually, here's one that actually translates from German. <laughs> what? When flies fly after flies, flies fly after flies. Yeah. Say so it in German. Um, Fliegen, 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 I don't know what that is. That's the Wiggles. I know what I want Keza to sing. Sing Captain Planet, Keza. Okay. London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down. London Bridge is falling down, my fair lady. Jen, were you a Girl Scout? Um, only till second grade. I thought it was lame. Late last night, while we were all in bed, Mrs. O'Leary put a lantern in the shed, and when the cow kicked it over, 
her, she blinked her eyes and said it would be a hot time in the old town tonight. We must have learned different songs. You know the one song that I can remember from Girl Scouts? Oh, I wish I was a little bar of soap. Bar of soap. Oh, I wish I was a little bar of soap. Bar of soap. I go slidey, slidey, slidey over everybody's hidey. Oh, I wish I were a little bar of soap. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that one vaguely. Girl Scout camp. Girl Scout camp. Oh, I don't want to go to Girl Scout camp. Gee, Mom, I want to go home. <laughs> Yankee Doodle went to town riding on a pony. Stuck a feather in his I can't even stick it back around <laughs> What does it even mean? I don't know. Like, is that, is that a historical person? Like, No, he's a figure. He's a metaphorical figure. Yankee Doodle. Like, for the Yankee people who live, like, in the Yankee part. But did they even have macaroni back then? No, probably not. You focused it on the wrong part of the song, P.S. That's the part that always confused me when I was a child, though. You know, I mean, like, he stuck a feather in his hat. I want to know why he's Doodle's Yankee. Actually, the songs is actually, uh, if I remember correctly, the British actually sang it, and they did it to make fun of us during the Revolutionary War. I think so, too. Yeah. Oh. Who's laughing now? That's what I want to say to them, Mike. What do you think? <laughs> Rubber ducky, you're the one. You make that time lots of fun. Rubber ducky, I'm awfully fond of you. Who will be do every day when I make my way to the tubby? I find a little fella that's cute and yellow and chubby. Rub dubby. <laughs> I've been working on the railroad all the live long day. Someone's in the kitchen with Dinah. Someone's in the kitchen, I know. Someone's in the kitchen with Dinah. Strumming on the old banjo. I want someone to sing Captain Planet before we go. Then I'll be satisfied. I don't think I remember it. I don't know that one. I don't know Captain Planet. How could you people not know Captain Planet? I do. I know that whole song. Richard's old sing it. He knows it. Sing it, Richard. Richard's gonna sing it? Yeah, right. No, Richard's gonna provide lyrics. This Phil Collins? Seriously, Phil Collins? Go sing it, P.S. I already sung enough stupid songs. I'm not Fire. doing Captain Planet's part. I'm going earth, fire, wind, water, heart. No, I didn't. (laughs) I would be fire. Richard would be heart, I think. And Keza would be earth. No, we're not doing Captain Planet. What would I be? We should do the fix. I I always wanted wanted to be wind because I thought Lincoln was so cool. Richard wanted to be heart. Okay, this is what I think of this line of commentary at the moment. I always get the impression in canon that George and Fred were kind of somewhat respectful to Harry and they don't really make him the butt of any of their joke. Or am I just forgetting key things? Dude, what are you doing? Make way, Air of Slytherin That's coming true. through. You're right. Never mind. Before the second task, when they're making the way through whether he's going to die. <laughs> I read a story the other day when Molly got pregnant after the final battle and had triplets. So, wow. you know, that I don't think that's within reason myself. It was dreadful. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. I read a story similar to that, but it was, uh, Harry was the father. But that's, Whoa. hey, that's just another. What sort of thing oh, that's you're even reading? Worse. That's we even weren't going to bring that up. I'm just, oh. I read one where Harry was the one having the baby. Oh, my God. Oh, you so see Harry as a baby? That's enough. How is that possible? It's not. Oh, oh wait, poor my Harry as a baby? <laughs> How is that even humanly possible? Are you serious, PS? <laughs> it's not. It's none of the point, because people write some really retarded stuff. Are you serious, PS? Make the man have the oh, baby. No. That's going to be cool. <laughs> have you ever watched Junior with Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, my That's God. That movie is so horrible. Oh, Lord. <laughs>
<laughs> you can't do it without Danny DeVito. I guess I shouldn't even say that George was the other. Oh, but, stop but wait, it. How is that possible? <laughs> I think you made me read that fic, P.S. Yes, I did make you that read that so fic. awful. I remember that. <laughs> because you made me read that fic with... with Comatose with, Alice and Harry? You've got to tell them that. That's worse. No. What? At what? least George and Harry we were both alive. He was alive. Oh, no, no, no. It brought no. her out of the coma. My brilliant guest, the Draco Malfoy, has come back in time to send Harry a Valentine. I don't normally respond to overly speculative questions. There are clues embedded in some of that aging in place conversation mm-hmm. that should answer the question for you. Oh my gosh, Ryan, you're right. <laughs> Unless I'm completely wrong, but I can't go read it now. Right We're there? in the middle of an interview. This is... I made fun of you about that one. You t- oh, you mocked me without mercy. You should hear this. <laughs> when I first brought up, everyone slapping me in the back. Well done. We you solved it. The second time, they were throwing tomatoes at me. Jen was chasing me down. It was awful. And the funny thing was, Jen heard it the week before and agreed with me then. The second week, all of a sudden, John Kerry over here completely flips. It's on the other side of the issue. It was awful. I said, I'm a woman. I can do that. I think the biggest question, though, is... No, you uh, don't get to ask the first one. <laughs> okay, I fine, Jen. The first one. At the time, it was extremely disconcerting. There was great music right there, right when that happened. I'm sorry, like it was extremely disconcerting. Well, you know Abraxan? She writes Refiner's Box. Yeah, She's yes. got an original novel published with Whimsy Hill called Star Sons. It's out on Amazon now. You know, you can see, look at her really early stuff, how she, you know, she's improved. Almost yeah, look at Sandra Clare. <laughs> you know, she her. Oh, you didn't listen to the podcast. My prediction was that Draco came back from the future and sent Harry the Valentine. <laughs> hey, when I crush it down to one sentence, it sounds moronic. I have a whole plan. I have pie charts. Oh, don't talk. Don't patronize me. You're like, that's a very... You should hear me explaining the fan fiction I read to my husband. <laughs> There's too many too many things I would have to explain. Yeah. But I totally understand. Lindsay, you broke his heart. I can't believe of all the things in the story you're in denial about this. The reason I was laughing about the Draco coming back in the future is I had the image in my head of the Back to the Future movie. Draco oh, hanging onto the side of a telephone pole and Poe decapitates him like happened that guy in Georgia. Neville got to be the boy who lived for a second. He did kill it. <laughs> so he got to be like, the acting boy who lived. He's like one-seventh of the boy who lived, okay? Because he took out one of the horses. <laughs> Harry's only five-sevenths boy who lived. It's uh, If you got to split the XP for Voldemort, Neville should get one-seventh and so should Crab, which may give Crab the opportunity to buy up his intelligence. Well, no, if you really think about this, Harry, yeah. Harry destroyed a Horcrux. If you think about this, he jabbed a book with a tooth. Neville decapitated a snake with a big ass sword. So Freudian. The, no, so but, the, Freudian. but think of your cool. Think of the what was like a bris? But think of the cool meter. Think of the cool. Yeah, meter. the cool factor definitely has Neville uh, a lot higher on the. While cool his head was on fire. I mean, come on. <laughs> Neville's like MacGyver over there, and Harry's like. Yeah, <laughs> Scarface Longbottom. <laughs> You know, they tell you to write what you know. So it's a writer who has musical training, and they need to have him doing something, so they use something they know. Jen, I'm sorry. All I can picture is a year like none other when Draco sings at Christmas time. <laughs> he sings like an old drummer boy or something. <laughs> like, it's considered culture. So I'm cultured. <laughs> Jen has a degree in music. That makes me cultured. <laughs> Jen's very cultured. She drives a Toyota. 
Oh, you were going to come to Texas? I'm going to come to Texas. Why? <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant that I'm honestly curious. I didn't mean that in a bad way. No, no, no. <laughs> like, is there something going on here that I should know about? That's what I meant. Oh, you are man. bad people. Oh, well, you can come stay with me. I'll show you around Texas. <laughs> I would like to come to Texas one time, but we'll see. It's really flat. <laughs> Jen, I think people are nervous when you say, come stay with me. I live in civilization now. It's different. I have a question. Is she in Kansas or Kansas City? She's um, in, her parents are in Kansas City. She's in Manhattan. Is Kansas City she's, in Kansas? It's in no. Kansas. Yes. In Missouri. It's Kansas in City's capital, isn't it? I think it's on the border. And I think most of it is in Missouri. Kansas City's got two dots. I think they've moved it. There is one dot they in Missouri. There is one dot actual Kansas. Well, I was listening to that episode, and I'm like, holy crap, she's been from Missouri all this time. W-O-R-C-E-S-T-E-R, and it's pronounced Worcester. Someone sent me a letter the other day, and they spelled it W-I-S-T-I-R. And I'm staring at this, yeah, I'm staring at it for an hour trying to figure out what the hell they're talking about. I'm like, oh, Worcester. Worcester. <laughs> Amelia is covering Baltimore. Where'd you put my dot in? Why are you typing, where did you put my dot, as you're saying, where did you put my dot <laughs> P.S. is arrow to Cambridge in Massachusetts, and Amelia is covering the word Baltimore because she must be like, I don't know, Ali's covering something as well. I have a question. Is my dot directly to the right of P.S.'s dot? No, no it's above. because I'm not sure that I knew exactly where you were, so I think I just pointed you to the... Oh, there's Worcester. I found Worcester. Okay, I... I live, I live in the suburbs. Hold on, what, Jen? Where are we looking at? Somebody okay. send me the dot. No, Jen, to has a map of the United States with dots according to the houses of where everyone on PFW is located. So like a really gigantic map. Yeah, so you're like a purple dot in Texas, and I'm like... No, 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 no. She's, she's a blue, a, dot. She's a blue, blue one. one. She's a blue dot. Why? Because I'm Ravenclaw? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I want to see it. That sounds awesome. So I'm... Take a picture. I'll take a picture. <laughs> yes, where yeah. are you? Are you in the... You're in Boston, right? Are you in Boston? I say Boston. You've been in Boston all this time? Uh, I am four minutes not, from you. Uh, that is frightening. <laughs> Yes, so I'm in the colonies. <laughs> yes, I could probably walk and meet you right now. Oh my God. That's so funny. I'm not going to ask you where you live because you'll have to walk around with a paper bag over your head. Scott, where do you live? Canada. <laughs> I love how he does the whole country. I'm in Canada. Like, it doesn't, like, it's so general. More specifically, Saskatchewan. America. I'm a Canadian. More specific than that, about in the middle of the province. How do you did you say Saskatchewan? Saskatchewan. Oh, y'all say it like no one that is. This is a really cool thing, Keza. I want it. It's awesome. I want to go and buy a map now for my. This is helpful for Jen because she doesn't know where any of the states are. Well, I went into the what was it? The paper Smithsonian, the letter Smithsonian, the one with all the the one with all the letters and and the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, the archive. Thank you. Well done, and <laughs> and I got escorted out because I was chewing gum. <laughs> oh, by the way, can I just point out I love Bob King of Squirrels or whatever the hell his damn name is. In the <laughs> Bob the Squirrel King. Bob. I was like, where did he come from? What are you doing? Took a shot at me in the forum, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere. In recognition of honorable, loyal, and faithful service, Madam President. Admiral of the Colonial Fleet. Ladies and gentlemen. Bob, King of Squirrels. So, <laughs> like, latest SmackDown in defense. Oh, my God, he's, like, your secret protector. I think right, you a- need to change your saying to Squirrel Bob is my hero. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know who you are, but I'm willing to date you. <laughs> I'm looking him up to see how many, how long has he been here? I don't know. He's, he's got 21 he's posts, and he started a whole game in the Ravenclaw Carmen room, and he's never here. He's only got 21 posts. He was here before I was here, and then he just came out of nowhere and just slammed this guy. I'm like, yeah, Bob. No, his name is Bob. Wait, I know it's just Bob the Squirrel. Oh, I was like looking under S's. Okay. His, his, he's he's been here for 21 posts. Why would we like give him a facetious name? Oh, Bob, comma, Squirrel Why King. Why would I mark Bob Squirrel King? He defended me. <laughs> and I want to just point out, Jen, Bob Squirrel King defended you as well. And we were defended by Bob the Squirrel King. <laughs> Funny. It's like you expect to be defended by somebody you know. Go, Bob the Squirrel Freaking King. I imagine, this, I'm not joking, but I imagine this little squirrel with a crown with a little, little going, you get it, I'll get you. I feel like, what now? I really want to make a picture of Bob the Squirrel King, and I'm going to have me, and he, I'm going to be swooning, and he's going to be saving me, and, he, and I'm going to have music under it going, I am the king, or what, something like Mighty Mouse or something. I come to save the day. Jen, you want to give him the fourth hosting slot? Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Lady J. And I'm Bob, King of Squirrels. I wonder if he has, like, a squirrel-like voice. Like, if it's more like the chipmunks. Jen, Jen do you think I'm actually plaid? What? I don't care. Do you I'm think like... I'm actually plaid? He's like Alvin. Yes, do you wear plaid? What? Do you wear plaid? No, it's a joke. Oh, my God. I will be just... Dis- well, I'm disappointed now. I pictured you in plaid all the time. Silly. What? I, I pictured people hey, in plaid. Hey, I was 14 years old, and I was being silly and random, and now I'm stuck with it for the rest of my life. <laughs> Jen, Jen, you can go and leave him a message in the common room. He's surfaced. He's Wait, playing the potato game. Oh, I'm sending him a message. <laughs> Me too. Can I just like, be like... He I- hasn't been on the whole time that I've been on Puffler, right? <laughs> and all of a sudden, Wait, he's just surfaced. It's like having okay. a brand new Ravenclaw. Under, it's like a new uh, plaything. Yeah, Wait, where... Okay, Ryan, what thread did he defend us in? Because I'm about to make a new thread called Bob. The Squirrel King is my hero, and people can contribute. But then you... you, What? What? (laughs) (laughs) You can't just come out and say that. What is the guy that attacked you going to say? Jen doesn't care. Jen has Tourette's. What? I don't even know the guy. I don't know either of them. What? (laughs) The hell with the podcast. We're never going to get a standing gun. Go go to... S-Q-R-E-L. Yes. Okay, thank you. We're going to do like a four-minute podcast. Who liked chapter one? I'll show of hands. Bob King of Squirrels is online. Oh my no, God! Hold on, I'm sticky threading my topic of how he's going to be like. Bob. He's going to be like they're stalking me. Here, Bob. Go here and post because I just Two said freaking awesome. Bob. No, don't PM him. Write him in the thread that I created, Ryan. I have to be impartial, Jennifer. No, Ryan. No. <laughs> Can I just say my new favorite forum member? Bob and I Squirrel don't King? know how, well, besides Bob the Squirrel King, my hero, it has to be, I don't know how to say her name. I guess it's a new way to say sweet, S-U-E, because it's Sue at, or Sue at, it's Sue at Dutch Foot. I love Sue. Sue in the beginning didn't even know Sue didn't even know post in the beginning. I love Sue. Sue's awesome. Because she has, me and her have PM'd all this week, and she's freaking awesome. She is. And she's listened to all of our episodes. I don't think I can even say that. Hasn't listened to the second season yet. I listened to the season premiere thing. You haven't heard Peon cast yet, which I haven't. You- <gasps> 
This is the third time we have tried to record this podcast, everybody. Now, the first time we all got together, P.S. was there. I remember Scott being there. She was. It, we all got together, and it was a wonderful podcast until Jen said hello. I am not watching Orioles in a small window while we're podcasting. You're not watching what in a small what while you're what? Hello. Hi, Jen. Hi, Jen. Hi, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so upset right now. Just went silent as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> when Jen gets angry, Scott gets deaf. Okay, Scott, can you hear us? I can hear you. Someone else besides me talk. Can you hear me, Scott? Yep. Jen, mm-hmm. are you still here? I can't hear anything. <laughs> I was so upset. I made everybody awkward. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was very awkward. Jen was crying as her. <laughs> But then, never fear, we tried to do a special Peoncast edition of our podcast with P.S., Mike, and Scott. It worked wonderfully. Hello? P.S., I hear you. Can you hear me? But you're breaking up again. I hear that staticky thing, and now I don't hear you. You're gone. Oh, yep, you're back. The next thing I I was going to say, well, thank God I'm a country boy. Oh, I hear you again, P.S. You disappeared. Now Scott's gone. Are you still here, P.S.? Talk if you're here. You're gone too, P.S. I'm all alone again with Ryan. We also can't talk, actually. So I'm the only one who can talk. And now tonight, we have decided Jen and I weren't supposed to be here, but we're here, and she was supposed to be here, and she's not here, and the peons have come to help us, and tonight is turning out to be a very low-key, very relaxing evening and I think everything's going to be just fine because I'm sure nothing bad has happened to Jen today. <laughs> Jen? Right, right. Nothing bad ever. I was actually having a really good day. So good, in fact, that Ryan and I, who previously were like, yeah, we can't tonight. We're so busy. We can't podcast. To where we were being snarky and we finally were like, you know what? It's perfect timing for podcasting. So anyway, I was hurrying home so that I could hurry to the studio so that I could podcast because everything goes in order that way. And today I told Ryan, I was like, I got to my dogs, and then I'm going to go to the studio, and I'll meet you there. So anyway, I had gotten a 30-pound bag of dog food. You know how they come in those massive bags because they're cheaper that way? Yeah. So it was in my back seat. So I, like, get it out. And I don't know if any of you are very strong, but 30 pounds. <laughs> I was this little person, like, under this big bag, like, huffing and puffing. But anyway, so I shut my door, and the end of the bag catches in the door, and it rips. And my dog food just lands <laughs> on my driveway. So I don't have a broom yet. All we have is one of those vacuum things. You know what? I'm talking about for hardwood floors, though the vacuum, a vacuum sweeper cleaner. No, not a vacuum cleaner. The vacuum sweeper thing. A dust mop. No, like they have, like they have it's in the restaurant. It's a vac plus. It's supposed to be a vacuum plus a broom, and they're called vac sweeper or something like that. Anyway, I don't know. We don't have stuff like that up in Massachusetts. Up here, we just have vacuum cleaners. So carry you on. You put the new pad on the bottom, and you squish it in the a hole. A swiffer. I have a, a swiffer. You yeah, tried to clean up thirty pounds of dog food with a swiffer. <laughs> No, I was saying I couldn't because that's all I have. So I went and got a leaf rake. <laughs> and so I'm leaf raking my dog food on I my... I for 10 minutes. I know, and I'm hurrying because I'm like, crap, crap, crap. They're going to start without me. I'm like rushing. And my neighbor, who is this 100-year-old poor little Mexican guy, comes over. <laughs> and he's like, hola, hola. Oh, no, this happened to me all the time. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, really? You drop dog food all over your yard? Whatever. But he bends over to help me. And I'm just terrified he's going to break something, like a knee. Or, I don't know. He's like wobbly. Anyway, so he gets on his knees and he starts. I bring the bucket that we keep the dog food in around the house. We're putting it. We're using our hands. This is pitiful. And so we're using our hands. We're putting in the dog food. Well, he loses his wedding ring. No. And yes, he's like, oh, no. And I'm like, 
And he's like, my my wife. And I was like, oh, no. So I'm like, crap. So we look everywhere. That I'm like raking the dog food around so that I can see his wedding ring. It's not anywhere. So finally, I end up dumping the whole thing of dog food that we just shovel into the thing. Because I couldn't find it. And finally, we found it. And he was like, oh, I better go home. So I'm left to like do it all by myself again. Like, thanks, thanks. I left you alone for like five minutes. I know. It was like ten minutes. I was so, you should have heard the profanities. It was not pretty. Well, we were pretty snarky <laughs> this evening. As we were here. We wouldn't be here if we weren't this snarky. We were making death jokes. Everybody was awful. <laughs> it was awful. It was very bad. It, it was very, stop making death jokes. I'm sorry. I was helping. I was being dramatic. It, well, you're helping very much. <laughs> oh my God. Can I just read Gen 2's chapter Super Jenny returns to the land of the living? What the hell is the point of the first two paragraphs? You look pretty in this a dry asshole, despite the other's attempts to make it seem otherwise. Susan makes shitty potions. And a squared. Annoying American asshole. Could air a squared. Romilda is a bitch. News of the world. The Chronicle wants Harry. Harry? Jenny still loves Harry. Harry still loves Jenny. Harry's like Sprite. <laughs> what the hell is the point of the first two paragraphs? What is Fast and the Wonder Cat? Susan's cat. So tonight we are starting a brand new fic, and I say that with no emotion in my voice whatsoever because we have tried to record this podcast nine times already. So we've been through this once before. So we're going to try this a little bit differently tonight. We have all of the peons here. We have two-thirds of the hosts here, and that ain't bad. And we're all here tonight, and we are so excited to start talking about the Coven of Echoes by either H. Whimsy or Whimsy or however we're pronouncing it today. We love you very much. We'll talk to you in four weeks. We just have no earthly idea how to pronounce your name. So what we are going to do for the first six chapters tonight, which we have all read for this podcast, which again, for us, pretty big deal, is we are going to, instead of just jumping into the main themes, instead of jumping into a discussion of Harry and Ginny, the untold story, what we're going to do is we are actually going to read our notes out loud to you and use them as a jumping off point. <laughs> jumping off. Now picture me on the diving board. Do this with me, everybody. We're going to jump off from the notes into the critical, thoughtful, respectful heart and need of these chapters. Now, this is Potterfic Weekly, so there's a bit of a twist. These notes were written by Gen 2, our own, <laughs> our very own Gen 2, and Gen 2 is a little inebriated. <laughs> You'll notice Gen 2 giggling. She's very legal. But you'll notice Gen 2, and yet nothing is funny. It's kind of like Jen when she takes Vicodin. Hey. Do you hear? Do you hear? Do you hear everybody? This is what we have. So Scott, dear Scott, who sounds British but is really Canadian, is going to jump. You all right, Gen 2? You okay? Gen 2 is okay. Yeah, Scott, it's, it's all right. Is she gargling? She's, she's, yeah, she's gargling. She got a little bit too much scope in that one. Okay. She's gargling with Kool-Aid. She's gargling with Kool-Aid. Okay. So <laughs> Scott is going to jump us off into the very serious, very, very, very yes. serious uh, chapter one. Scott, take it away. Chief resident healer Ginny Weasley works for St. Dymphna's in Edinburgh, Scotland. Ginny has an unnatural love of lemon drops, but no love for the environment as she pitches the damn things everywhere. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> important people. Susan Raines, Rumi. I hate Harry. Boss, Graham Virden. Not to be confused with Jen Meridian. Healer Peons. Not to be confused with us. Yay, Peons. <laughs> what is this? 
Why is Gen 2 the drunk one and we're all missing her line? Ginny cares about the animals, that's why. Well, my that's what I said. You stole my line. <laughs> I know. It was your line. I'm not taking credit. It was not my line. You didn't know my name. <laughs> Wait. Sorry, Pia's. <laughs> At first, I was like, is this yes or Gen 2? Oh, yeah. Okay. The British sounding one. Okay. I don't, oh my God. What is it? <laughs> I remember when I was in the seventh grade, my friend's mother asked me, How long has your family lived in this country? And I was like, What are you talking about? And she said, You're from Britain, aren't you? No, no, no. On Saturday, Mike was making you do different accents, and one of them was. What is up with Mike making people do Just different accents? Just he do that to you as well. Oh. oh. I went to the ER one day, and I was sitting in the ER, and on the TV, they were showing an episode of ER, and it was the one where Dr. Green couldn't deliver the baby, and it was like a documentary on medical incompetence, and they were showing it in the emergency room. Just never got over that event about it. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on, guys. I got a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> walked in and it's being really annoying. <laughs> All right, well, say hello to we... Mr. Keza and then he'll go away. Hi, Mr. Keza. Hi, Mr. Keza. They said hello, now go away. Merlin's pants, it's Merlin's underwear. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah underwear. I, I knew that, but see, in my brain, I guess it's the wine. Yeah, I learn these things and I use them, but then they confuse me still. Like, I know enough <laughs> to not say pants. Like, if I'm talking about pants, like, I know it's underwear. Like, if I put it in a story, like, if I talk about horses' pants. But then again, like, when I read it somewhere else, I think did pants. You, did you drink the other half of my bottle of wine? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, pants is underwear, trousers are pants. Wait, wait, how did we get on pants? And in Australia, <laughs> they're called jocks. Is if Harry you're... wearing pants? <laughs> it doesn't say. It says he's got his wand clenched in his hand. He could be completely naked for all we know. Harry is a player. Tonks loves Remus. McGonagall wants Harry. Ginny still loves Harry. Harry still loves Ginny. Hags oh. like fried brains. Dramatic tea-to-tea between Ginny and Susan. Susan gets maternal. Enter Bastet the Wondercat. Ginny still has an obsession with lemon drops. And Harry is a stalker. Did we actually just say something intelligent? Yep. We did. <sighs> weird. <laughs> okay, I want to know what hags like fried brains means. <laughs> speaking of being intelligent, I don't, I don't know what that means. You didn't get that? No, 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 it was haggis. Haggis is fried brains. I thought you were talking about Hagrid and you just used shorthands. <laughs> Which do we want to talk about first, the dog? <laughs> Am I not a good reader? Because I don't remember the dog. They're going back to Grunion's Tavern to check out the crime scene. And they walk into the bar, and it says the doors creaked though arthritic, unhappy to be opened in the bright light of the morning. Immediately, a waft of stale fire whiskey hit their noses. Their eyes blinked focus in the gloom. The, the seats at the bar were vacant, save a sad-looking wizard with his even sadder-looking dog that was seated next to him, his jowls lying on the bar. <laughs> 
Blinking a few more times, Harry saw a tall, hairy man cleaning glasses with a dirty rag, eyeing the dog with gathering displeasure. My good fellow, another for me and my friend here. <laughs> the bark, <laughs> the bark keep blew out a snort and shook his head. <laughs> it's a damn dog. <laughs> <laughs> and the sad man, looking man <laughs> gazed at the dog that proceeded to lick his face. He just doesn't understand prudence, does he? A woman born into a dog's body. Well, here's to you, girl. <laughs> hey, Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. I just want to say love the podcast. I think you're doing a great job. Uh, my friends Jen and Chi and I were, you know, sitting back discussing this week's episode, and we wanted to chime in to answer some of the questions that you had. Uh, first of all, uh, the Coven of Echoes. We do know what it is, but due to Pyrific Weekly Regulation 104-A, we're unable to tell you what it is as we're only up to Chapter 6. We're not supposed to know what it is yet, but we do know, and, and, and we will tell you, but you know, but later, later. And uh, the second question, Horace Slughorn and being the Defense Against the Dark Arts professor, uh, you know, P.S. seemed to have some confusion with that. We thought it was pretty clear from our reading, but maybe P.S. Uh, skimmed and, 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 and missed it. Um, what actually happened was that or- Horace Lughorn was fired for gross incompetence and filed a grievance against McGonagall, and the only position she had left as part of the uh, part of the plea bargain was to give him defense against the dark arts, figuring he'd only stay for like a year, and that didn't really work out for Minerva. But just wanted to uh, chime in with that. Again, love the show. Think you're doing a great job, and uh, talk to you soon. And now, a word from our peons. You know what I got for my birthday today? Doctor, I cannot tell you. It is a secret. To me, she really captured how Jenny felt about Harry and how he felt about her. And then that's where it just gets me with the whole Shakespeare sonnet. Then I start getting all, you know, teary and oh, love, love, you know. But oh, it is an ever-fixed mark. And it bears it out <laughs> even to the edge of doom. Her love for him is unwavering and unconditional. And it doesn't matter what he goes off and what he's going to do. She's going to always, always love him until the day that she dies. And then... Of course, I just sit here and, you know, revel in my whole Marianne Willoughby, William Shakespeare. And really, I only liked it because the whole thing, I was just imagining parts of Sense and Sensibility. And I had Alan Rickman on the brain the entire time. So really, it was just a whole Alan Rickman <laughs> sweet fest. So that's why I picked it. <laughs> so actually, it's got nothing to do with Harry no. and Jenny at all. It's just about Alan Rickman. No. I shall go mad. <laughs> Please give me an occupation. <laughs> Oh, I don't see. know what you guys are talking it's about. It's all peanuts on a real <laughs> I do not sound like that. It's hot. It's all the fucker. Now you're just mocking me. And welcome back to the Connor Fake Weekly. I'm Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Melinda. I'm Lady <laughs> Shay. And I'm Ben. Crap, we died. <laughs> we did not tell you. I'm like, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. She has to be Dan. No, it didn't work. <laughs> Tonight, we decided we were going to have a flawless episode of Perfect Weekly, and I got a text message from Lady Chi today. And <laughs> I love getting text messages from Lady Chi because they're always so optimistic and they're always so cheerful. <laughs> and I get a message from Lady Chi that says, good news. Now, I stopped there and said, I put my hand on my chest, and I closed my eyes, and I went, <sighs> Good news. I am thrilled already, Chi. I'm thrilled. And then I look back to my to my cell phone. Texas has the possibility of tornadoes tonight. And I looked back and I said, Chi, well done. Well done. Y'all make me sick. Why didn't y'all tell me? <laughs> we thought you would have known. We thought and we want if you didn't know it yeah, would have been a nice surprise. 
So, so Jen, first of all, how are you doing this evening? How are you? Well, my windows blew away, and a tree went through my parents' house, and I'm still like, I may run away at any minute. So, fine, though. Fine. In good health. So, for us, it's like an 8 out of 10. Yeah. Well, I'm at 60%. There, well, that would be 6 out of 10, but, you know, we're, we're, we're above 5. <laughs> we're above 5, and that ain't bad. That's what That ain't bad. You're above the 5. We are above the the threshold. Now, I just need to, to share with you all some very upsetting and startling news which we received this week on Pyrific Weekly. Now, up until this past week, as we know, Jen has been the interesting host on Pyrific Weekly. Jen was the one with the best stories, whether they involved death or locusts or Amish people or taillights or, ma'am, can you put your hands behind your back? You know, like, 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 Jen has had the fun stories. Now, Jen has been replaced as the interesting one. <laughs> Rena, you all remember Rena? Hi, y'all. How's it going? Uh, Rena is the, was the owner or the, um, the user of, of Bernard, the, the lawnmower prior to his untimely demise in the middle of a lightning storm. You know, she's been living in, in, in the sticks. She's been living in, in the country. Someone must have said, Rena, how are you? And she chimed in to tell us that an F4 tornado ripped a 150-mile path across Arkansas and destroyed her house. So we thought to ourselves, oh my God, that's the worst story ever. It could not possibly have gotten any worse than that. And then she told us the entire county was without power for seven days. And my response was, ooh, I lost power for 30 seconds tonight. I was cranky. Like, last month, I'm not going to lie to you, I lost power. I have 43 flashlights in my house, but unfortunately, I don't have any batteries. So that was that, that, was, a, that, was, that was a learning experience for us all. So I said, oh my, well, you know, Rinda, the power came back on, your house was destroyed, but you're obviously, you're typing now. You're not, you're obviously, you know, back in the world of, of you know, the technologically sound. So, so things are doing well. So that must have been the end of the story. And then she said, for some ungodly reason, our county's main only transmission line that brings power is located on the side of a cliff over a river. And I said to myself, hmm, that's kind of <laughs> like when we put the Strategic Petroleum Reserve in Louisiana. That was an interesting choice. I would have preferred yeah. Kansas, but you know, whatever. So, although after tonight I'm, I'm rethinking that whole Kansas thing, there was then a snowstorm, the main transmission line froze and fell into the river. Huh. Okay, well, that must be the end of the story. She then told me that all of the buildings in her town that were destroyed were uninsured, so they can't rebuild any of them. Apparently, all of her shoes were lost. She slipped and broke her back, but it got better because there was a silver lining. Monsoon season began. So once Rinna lost everything that she owned and her transmission lines fell into the ocean... And, you know, all of the buildings were gutted, you know, and could never be rebuilt again. It rained a lot. Okay, so y'all are griping about some wind? There was some <laughs> no, rain. Well, it was like Yeah, let me put you this way. A Chevy landed on Rinna's house, and then it but that rained. But a tornado. Well, no. For, first what happened, first what happened was a tornado hit, and then the power station fell off the cliff into the water, and then it snowed on top of everybody, and then they were told they can't rebuild any of the buildings and then it rained for like a month <laughs> sounds bad you are, you are absolutely unimpressed aren't you <laughs> no <laughs> it's just so frequent here I'm it's all sorry. about I'm, you I'm, isn't it poor Jen is, is <laughs> hiding no. based on no. 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 no.
I was having a conversation with Keza, and she she answered me. And she goes, "Chi," and I said, "What?" And she goes, "Can you explain what the hell the Cabin of Echoes is?" And I oh, said, an entire "Oh my gosh, about that Lego." I think found about Freemasons. I know. Yeah, I, I, said, I said they're a secret society, kind of like the Freemasons, and there's like dot 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 thing, and she's like, "And that means what?" <laughs> that was well, like, I everyone's right in Australia. I'm wondering if it's a good sign that everyone's read the fic, and then they're like, "Does anyone know?" What happens? <laughs> I know. I like, oh God. We're a little confused <laughs> on the salient details. What? What are the common events? We believe in Harry, unlike Jenny, who is the retard of the Harry Potter world. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 hey! We got like Melinda Leo sitting right over there. No, 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 no. Sorry. <laughs> That was embarrassing. She was trying to flaunt the fact, oh, look at me, I slept with Harry Potter, even though she didn't. She was trying to be a shell yeah. at Jenny's expense. But she's a skanko. <laughs> Are we allowed to say Is skanko me? on Butterfick Weekly? I don't know. Let's she check with the censors. Can we just... I think she's just an attention whore. But... <laughs> Melinda, yeah, Melinda, I'll give ten points to Hufflepuff if you say skanko right here on the podcast. Because we had such fun here. <laughs> yeah, Porn on the podcast are fine. Right. I don't know. I get points. Because Jenny says <laughs> on a daily basis. I love the moment where Harry says, Ginny, stay here. Stay here. And like I Love Lucy, five minutes later, Ginny is hanging on to the drain pipe as they're shooting her. It's very tension-oriented, don't you think? I love the sexual tension. Like, I really thought he was going to grab her and kiss her. He didn't. He just shook her and, like, stared into her eyes really deeply. I was like, go, Harry, go. I think tension-provoking is when Harry turns around and shoots Ron. That was tension-provoking. <laughs> <laughs> and then Harry's response is, Ginny, don't look. Hey, quick, whatever you do, don't let her see your dead brother on the ground. So. <laughs> I'm sorry, I really didn't mean it. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> I, we were just joking about this this morning. This is terrible. The Crucio bothered me. The Imperius didn't. I could I could live with the Imperius. <laughs> like the, the, well, the, 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 the you're right, Jim? Sorry. I had like a mental picture in my head. He's <laughs> 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 like, I'm alright with it. So you just found out your boyfriend slept with, with the supermodel and your boss yelled and you're rooming with Osama Bin Laden and you're having an awful day. Now you go to the Madame Couscous's shop of horrors and you need the rarest of the rarest of the rarest. You have no money. So you, you go in there with no money. You have no credit cards of any kind. And you go into the shop of horrors. You're apparently asking for the layaway plan because you have no way of paying for this thing. And they say, okay, person with, with the one leg and, and he's wearing the bulletproof vest and you know the really skeevy guy behind the says, okay, you just need to do three things for me. Number one, would you mind signing my guest book? <laughs> Look for fine print when you do that. Like, but Ginny's like, okay. So Ginny signs the guest book. See, she's the Hogwarts genius. <laughs> We're the only three people in the world who can do this. Ron, can you do it? Nope, I failed that course. Okay, it's between me and you. I'll do it. And all of a sudden, it's your ex-boyfriend is the only person in the world who can read your mind. My thought was, is it possible that you could use a pensive, maybe? 
what? You know what? Let's not think too hard about this, because maybe defensives are all down tonight. We need Harry to read your mind. And, and if you do it, I'll save the girl's life. Oh, crap. Now I have to. Okay, we'll do it. But Harry, whatever you do, there's something in my mind. Happens later. It's not important at all. It doesn't involve you at all. Nope, not you, Harry. Not you at all. Nothing to do with you. <laughs> there's something in my mind that won't become important until chapter 16, and I'd really appreciate it if you'd just leave it alone. Ginny says, okay, Harry, you can read my mind, but you have to stop when I say stop. And Harry wouldn't stop, and Ginny said stop. It was like the date rape episode of Saved by the Bell. Like, Gypsy said one! Only one, Harry! <laughs> I couldn't help but pick up on the sexual connotation of that. It's like, Harry, I said stop, stop, Harry. It's like, I'm almost down a little bit further. I'm like, this is not going to He's like, I was like, oh my god. Now I'm starting to think, maybe he did sleep with the slut. <clears throat> yeah, slurred wrong. Staggering drunkenly, and a second later, person's the only muddle song you'd ever learned. The ridiculous words kicking <laughs> off the brick walls. So I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want. What you really... And you can picture the alternative now is to break the statute of secrecy and to engage in armed warfare with the books. <laughs> like, hold on, guys. I may have just been shot. I may have massive blood loss. But damn it, I have a plan. It's a good plan. I'm proud of this plan. And this plan's gonna work, damn it. And the muggles just kind of look at them and just kind of wander away. This is not funny! Oh my god, oh my god. Why are you here? Shouldn't you be, like, in the back room or something? I don't have anywhere else to go! There's gotta be somewhere better than here. Can you go in the back room? How would you know? I don't know. Listen to me. I know what I'm doing. Can you go in the back room? I'll call you. Is there a reason you can't talk to us and be in in the safer room, Jen? I can't. I'm hooked up to my, like, I'm standing. Jen, I'll call you on my phone, on your cell phone. But I can't because James yelled at me about the minutes. (laughs) Jen, a tornado's about to hit you. I'm I'm looking, though. If I hear the whoo, I'm going to be like, oh, Jen, before we do anything else, can you just say hi to the blooper reel? (laughs) This is not funny. This is serious. You're arguing to me about your minutes. Earthquakes in Boston. Boston, you're arguing about your minutes on your cell phone. I'll write you a check. I did not realize this. P.S. lives a minute and 30 seconds from my house. Are you serious? She's like, oh, I went to that mall today to buy my new mic. I'm like, I was there today. <laughs> like, I could have, like, yeah. It's standing next to each other and not have even known it, though, oh, right? Because I, I have no idea what she looks like. I'm like, that'd be funny if I, like, backed down my driveway and hit a car and got out and saw an I Love Horse Slughorn bumper sticker on the car. I'd be like, it's going to be me. We told him that he broke his laptop. We really stuck him in the corner with a cake. Michael. Kez is talking to her son is even more funnier this week because she's saying, Michael, be quiet. <laughs> Michael can't say anything. <laughs> we could have Mike on the podcast. Say hello, Michael. Hello. Hello. <laughs> we do have Michael on the podcast. Yay. There he is. We've gotten our requisite Michael quota. Have you got anything else to say? I don't think he does. I just got a hug. Aww. We have to have him back next week. Uh-huh. Yeah. What? I love you. <laughs> I love you too. He's a peon in training. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you can go now. See ya. <laughs> he wants a huggle. <laughs> Hey, Michael, can you say stupid? Stupid. <laughs> there you go. Yes. <laughs> you know, I do try and teach my kids not to say stupid. I can't believe I just did that. You're such a bad influence. Yeah. I know a New Orleans charm. I left my wife in New Orleans with 45 cents in a can of beans because I thought it was right. <laughs>
Right, right, my country. Whoopsie do. Okay. Have you not heard that? No. You must have heard it. It's a Civil War thing. Come on. Told you I was cultured. I guess babies come after sex. <laughs> Wait, they do? And this because... is the chapter where Harry withholds information, I think. Okay, honestly, I have to say this. You sound like Ryan with a really bad head cold. <laughs> no, okay. You have to understand that Mac gusted on a couple of the podcasts at the very beginning. And then, oh, God, who was the other one that was the other guest host, the other guy? Phil, coming to you through the magic of pre-recorded voicemail. Phil! Phil! Yes. Our friend Phil! Those are, those are the only two guys that I've ever worked with besides Ryan. And I guess, I don't know, your voice just sounds like Ryan's. Your timber <laughs> is a little lower. People used to get Jen and I mixed up a lot. I remember I got you and Jen mixed up. Because whenever we would disagree on things, we had some people thinking that Jen was talking to herself. <laughs> <laughs> Which could and totally then, happen. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. I don't smoke, and I'm like, damn, I need a cigarette. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can very distinctly remember when I read this for the first time, I was thinking, sweet Jesus. <laughs> James, my husband, my poor, lovely husband, I love you. We have some unfinished business. I'm an awkward, <laughs> bumbling idiot most of the time. Yeah. I want to be more slutty. Yeah, okay. If any girl has a pole, they automatically feel sexy. Oh. I want one in my bedroom. <laughs> it gets me so excited <laughs> for the guy I married. The waves crash and the wind howl. Magic, unspoken and ageless, ignited like a candle in the darkness. Magic only two souls know when a third is miraculously created. Bubba chicka bow wow. So I managed to knock myself out. We're gonna have a baby! If I die, you are never allowed to remarry ever. I'm the only <laughs> woman that you can ever be with. Give me a break. We're the boat. We're having a baby. We're seldom is her on a curse. And skies are not cloudy all day. I have a bedroom set I need to sell, and this isn't like Craigslist. I'm not asking you people to buy it. But I've had this thing for like 20 years. I bought it when I was eight. Someone bought it for me. I really had no source of income at the time. And I decided <laughs> it's still in really good shape, except I'm not four feet tall, so it's a little small for me. So Danielle moved in, and she said, <laughs> here's Craigslist. I'll be back in an hour. So I, I, <laughs> I put my bedroom set on Craigslist, and I need to get rid of it by the weekend because by Tuesday the new one is coming, and I find that would be cramped. So I put it on Craigslist, and... And I get a hit right away by someone offering me about 60% of what I asked for, and they need it for their 11-year-old daughter. I'm like, okay, you know, what? so I wrote back to them and said, that's wonderful. Now, it's Monday morning now. I'll email you back on Wednesday if I haven't received a higher offer. If we do this, if, if I sell it to you, can you pick it up on Saturday? And, you know, it's, it's a very large set. Do you have a truck or some way of transporting it? And do you need any You're very nice something? about I'm this. I'm very nice. Well, here's like the Craig's thing. List. I'm like, come and get it. No, but here's the thing. I don't want that to say, great, and then, you know, I'm sitting outside with the crickets in the background, and it's 12 hours, and I've had, you know, death <laughs> going. So, so I send the email, so I ask all of these questions. It's kind of like one of those 50-question things where people oh, ask if you've ever yeah. been skinny dipping and what your favorite color is. So I send her one of those. 
And in broken English, she writes back to me, great, here's my number. Now, number one, I never asked for her number. Number two, she didn't tell me what her name was. Number three, she didn't answer any other questions I had. And my thought is, this is Craigslist. I'll leave the damn thing in the woods before I start calling people, asking them to please buy my bedroom set. So I email her back and I ask her the same questions. That's Tuesday. Nothing. Wednesday, I email her back. I'm like, you know, I will accept the offer, but I need you to answer these questions for me. Nothing. Now, today, I receive an email from a woman asking me if it's still available. She is really interested and, you know, it's a very nice woman, gives me her phone number, all this stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, what's the etiquette here? You know, what if the first woman has had her brother come down from Quebec with a truck and I sell it to some other person? Like, because I care. Now, this person has no idea who I am, where I live. No, it's nothing about me. But I just, I, I'm a Hufflepuff. I can't do it. So, She's forfeited her right to the bedroom well, set. Well, I, I did this. I walked around yeah. my, I, I walked around my office today asking various people their thoughts and and everyone seemed to agree that what I needed to do was call her to let her know that we were not going to go through with it. So, oh, no, you don't. Well, that was what everyone was telling me, and I didn't want to do that. But everyone was telling me, pick up your phone and call her in regards to your hundreds of dollar deal, you know, to discuss some issues of whether your $300 or $400 is appropriate. Call her on your phone and ask her. And I said to myself, this doesn't feel right. So one thing I did, which many of you should always do, if you Google a phone number, it will either tell you who owns that phone number or it will bring back hits where that phone number has been used online before. So I Googled the phone number, and I came so close to calling a hooker. I want to repeat this. Oh, my gosh. She is a hooker who bartered with me because she didn't want to pay the full cost of the bedroom set. Now, I have told the story to many people today, and I just want to be very clear here. It's not the fact, it's not the sex that disappoints me. It's not. It's not the sex that disappoints me. It's the lying. You can obviously afford the full cost. Why would you barter down? How do you know that a hooker would make that much? Jennifer. What? Nothing. So anyway, I, I have... I think you're illegal here. No, well, nothing's really illegal in Texas. Come on. So anyway... <laughs> well, it depends on how much junk's in her trunk, you know? That That is true. And <laughs> so I have decided it would probably... be a not-high-class hooker, Ryan. So, she could be working very hard. She works hard for her money. Well, she does. <laughs> because because she has... Hard she has hard for the money. I hope she's not a listener. This could be very embarrassing. Oh, I somehow doubt that she... Wouldn't that be funny if you just went to the bottom Yeah, if she was one of our... Th- what would happen is, 10 years from now, when I run for governor of Massachusetts, Someone would say, you know, candidate Huggles, is it true that you called a hooker to ask her if $350 was a good price? And I would have said, damn it. I feel like Spitzer. I am an engaged young man, all right? And I live with a girl, okay? Reading chapter 19, I blushed. Because I promise you, you can ransack my house. You're not going to find a whip anywhere. Anywhere. There were points during the story, like I said, when I would just hope to God I was hit with a random bus. I was going to say wheat thresher, but I'm trying to get off my West Wing kick for the week. And I realized for every moment I was rolling my eyes at Harry's 25-minute orgasm or the fact that when Harry impregnated Ginny, I think it was actually shifts in the tides, which for those of you who don't know, are controlled by the gravitational pull of the moon. I think in Al Gore living room, a buzzer went off when that happened, like on the global warming meter. Like, it just, there were moments where I'm like, uh-huh, all right. And I realized for every moment I was head desking, Jen was having a wet dream. I was too. 
It was then, as the storm raged around them, that the most ancient magic known to mankind occurred. All I could picture was it would be like that moment from Soul of a Hero, where Harry splits the earth in two, and Dumbledore's like, oh my. Like, I was picturing (laughs) Harry, like, losing, like, like, the sex was so good that he ended the magical race, because it just, like, like, the circuit breaker popped out somewhere in the ministry. Superior boat north, he cried, a confused-looking brother obeyed to staff as fast as you can. This is after he realizes that his wand is going off. They whizzed along the white caps. <laughs> you know what? I started with like the hooker in mind. I am seeing dirtyisms. <laughs> From the shore, it must have appeared to be a speedboat race. Harry's heart hammered in his chest. They approached the island. The wand, however, was <laughs> vibrating to a direction farther north. She knew right then that she had conceived. No, apparently nature did, and it responded by howling and causing (laughs) excellent surfing conditions. I'm just like, oh my god, for a guy to read it. No, that is like the fantasy of the infertile woman everywhere. The sperm and the egg just meet and the world just ends. Now, just to to clarify here, because I think there's a good discussion we can have about about how screwed up girls are, and I'd like to start here. When when in a Harry Potter fan fiction any author has Harry in any way train for the upcoming battle with Voldemort, you have Jen over here and you have Chi go on for 45 minutes about how it's not proper in fan fiction and how it ruins the archetype and the story. Big words thrown out, tenses changing, but Harry, through the power of his sperm, seems to kick the moon's ass and everyone's like, oh my god, that was a beautiful moment. I loved every word of it. <laughs> you, you people are just nuts. That's all I've been, able to, I've been thinking about this all day. Right. That was the most exciting conversation I think we've ever had. I was trying to walk through the logic pattern, and it was that Thompson somehow engineered Harry and Ginny's breakup. So everyone said, oh my God, she's a Death Eater. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't getting, yeah. what if she's just a bitch? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I wasn't getting the leap of logic. And then it was, we must confront her. No, we can't. She'll be on to us. <laughs> we must make her think that we are apart. So we must not touch each other. Oh my God, that is so difficult. Or we are now back together. And I kind of missed the get back together scene. So I'm like, there's so much angst. And I don't know why. And Brian, kind of acting Brian, like a fruit loop. It's, it's good to know that even though Mike is not with us here, yes. he is with us in spirit. Is, so Harry's dead. He's dead. <laughs> no, he's, uh, he's almost full. Well, no, he's, he's mostly dead. dead. He's, he's been mostly dead all day. He's dead. He, <laughs> he's only mostly dead. He lost 95% of his blood. Ron carried him while Grandma was like shooting him with darts, like chasing. So Ron is walking at a brisk pace with dying Harry, and he like Miracle Max showed up and made the chocolate pill. Miracle Max. Can I actually ask you? At what point did Ron realize that Harry had ten minutes to live and no more? No, seriously. Where did that? Like, I know that because I wrote that, and I was like, why is the ten minutes? Ten minutes. Exactly. He pulled out his stopwatch and ran. Oh my God! Someone help me. Six minutes. But I love the point where Harry gets. So they get to the hospital, and it's this wonderfully ribbon scene where Ginny literally he reaches into Harry and like pulls out a lung and like dusts it off and puts it back in. Like she's doing 
tremendous <laughs> stuff because it's like ER because there's no other doctor on duty other than the person who just had their license pulled. Like, no one else is here in case anyone came here with an emergency of any kind. So Ginny has to, of course, do all this. Well, no, but stuff. Ginny's not supposed to work on it, remember? Right, and so my question like, was... now it's going to save his life. I've got to do it. Well, I have a question. What if someone came in with a head trauma right then? Who's available? Like, the kid who, like, maybe... <laughs> they can say, like, screw it. Staffing at the no, it's like the ER episode where all of the surgeons went away for a conference and Elizabeth Corday was the only one available and there was like a 47-car pileup and no one thought that could have possibly <laughs> happened so she had to operate on all... Like the janitor is like opening someone up because there's no one there. I'm like, come on. But anyway, my moment is Ginny saves his life and then collapses and she wakes up in her bed like the next day and Harry's standing over her. Shouldn't he be on like a vent or something? Like, like, he made a I was actually thinking it was like... Like, Carrie was grandma in disguise, and it was a dream because she was... No, because Jenny did such a good job healing him. She just sucked all of that stuff right out of him. I was just like, he has recovered very well. Like, in most hospitals, they make you sit in the wheelchair and wheel you to the door. Like, Harry's, he's, like, vacuuming when Jenny was... Like, she's like a walking jar of aloe. Swiftly flying, one singer's all following on the... Brian ran away screaming. No, I'm still here. I just love if I'm quiet for a few minutes, we get great blooper material. I like the fact that Harry is the chosen one, and he also has to destroy the leather. Like, Ron's like, what is it with you? Are you freaking Captain Kirk? Lady Chi is an HMC fangirl, and it's so <laughs> peculiar for me to see Lady Chi of all people genuflecting. I just have to stop. Oh, no. <laughs> genuflecting. He's really I'm glad I'm wearing that robe now. And that's yes, exactly. That is not going to do for what we have planned tonight. Give me a beat. Something hot. Something funky. Oh yeah. Welcome to Peoncast's first restricted section podcast. You want me to sing a traditional Australian song? Oh yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Blackhawk is back. Seriously? Oh, my God. repeat after me. Take me to your leader. <laughs> I can't hear you. Because I'm not talking. Oh. No, it's like, it's like, you literally, right you sound like you're broadcasting from Chopper 5 over the big X. <laughs> That's exciting. Well, thanks. Over, Roger. I have a bra- uh, well, a bag of Fruit Loops because I'm in college and I can't afford the real thing. I have Tutti Fruities <laughs> next to me. Picked it up and it like my computer is a mess already and I accidentally tipped it over. Like the wind caught it just right. The wind. I'm in my apartment. The fan. The breeze from the fan caught it just right. And it tipped over and there's like sugar all over my keyboard now. <laughs> And it's on my hands and in my face and in my nose. And I'm like, <laughs> like trying to get it all off and it won't go away. I love it when she tries to eat on the podcast. Because you hear her put like her oven vent on, which is making pasta. She has the loudest snacks. Harry had a couple of butt sex babies. 
And there was this scene that was described, and it was supposed to be this, like, really super touching emotional scene of Harry breastfeeding his butt sex babies. And I was just like, wait a minute, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> Are you serious? Tell me the story. What threw it over the top for you? Was it the breastfeeding or was it the fact that... Well, made this one, not for three. Like, I was reading, the, the, you know, the butt sex babies, and I was enjoying it. Then when they told me he was breastfeeding... What do you do with a broken tailbone? You, you just have to lay Not much. Get a little ass donut. And, yeah, they usually give them out people with either broken tailbones or, like, hemorrhoids. The phrase ass donut somehow has to be worked into the title of this episode. And welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. I've already said I'm doing like four. Oh my god, can we get through the damn? Ordinarily, I would turn to Lady Chi now and ask her how her toilet is, but I thought I would we try something different this week. Jen, how's your toilet? I broke the toilet, I guess. <laughs> well, our flesh doesn't flush, it flushes, and then it just like, it's like the water simmers. It's like for like mm-hmm. forever until ever. I am not the toilet master <laughs> by how to fix it or anything. So I just picked up like the orange thing and it flushed again and I went, oh, I fixed it. And then it did the simmer thing again. And I was like, well, not good. So, okay. So then I called my dad and I was like, dad, the toilet is sing. And how do, you know, so he was like, well, pick up the black thing. I'm like, the black thing? He's like, the, the oh, I can't remember what word to use now. Some technical toilet word. <laughs> anyway, so I went and so I pulled the, up the plug and so whatever, and it stopped. So I waited for like 20 minutes, like freaking out, like waiting for it to flood and think. I was like, I was like gathering up toilet paper rolls, like to put under it. I was like, I don't know what to do. And I don't even know how to turn the water off to it because I'm at the studio and the water runs weirdly here. And I was envisioning like my uncle, because we have like these tubes here. And I remember my uncle used to, he used to suck on one end of a really thin water hose on oil and oil would come out and then he could put it in his gas can or whatever and was siphoning <laughs> yeah, like in it. and so, so, I, so i was thinking oh my god overcome. maybe i could find the thing and suck on it to where the water would not well you don't actually touch any of the liquid to your mouth like you just put, suck so far and you, then I was, like, you would I was suck the wrong way and drink overflowing toilet water <laughs> I was trying to put it in the sink. (laughs) It made perfect sense. Jen's week. Jen went to the doctor's. She got really good news. Jen was happy. She skipped from the doctor's office. Jen fell down. Jen hurt herself. Jen hobbled back into the doctor's office. Jen got stitches. Jen had to go to Walmart to pick up her medicine now that Jen was on medication because Jen fell down and hurt herself. Jen could not walk through Walmart, so Jen got on the Mark cart. Jen knocked everything in Walmart (laughs) over. Jen eventually went home. Jen went into the pool with her husband. Jen's husband did not know about bats. A bat hit Jen's husband. Jen's husband yelled a lot. Jen went to plug in an angel nightlight that Jen has because Jen is afraid of the dark. Jen at that point realized that every electrical outlet in her house is upside down because the angel would not fit in unless she plugged it in upside down, at which point she felt that it was both a satanic nightlight and was blasphemous. Jen called an electrician. Jen hobbling around is pissed. 
But she's not our UN ambassador, is yes. what the point was. Yeah. It's not like we're going to war with Iran and Shirley Temple is tallying up the votes. Like she, she was the United States ambassador to Czechoslovakia. That's interesting. Okay. That's one thing. It's more like she, she's an ambassador, kind of like Angelina Jolie is an ambassador. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you actually put it in quotes, she's an ambassador. Where is Ghana? <laughs> I don't know why anybody would want to go there. Except if you're an African, in which case you call it home. Well, we should probably edit that out of the podcast in case we have African. Uh, yeah. Jen put all of her political capital down and said, we will not cover this specific. And I said, yes, we will. And she said, well, well, okay. Fine. And, and then <laughs> we prepared to cover it. And she said, this is going to be awful. And I said, it's going to be great. And she's fine. And then we got there, and she says, I'm not doing this. And I said, yes, you are. And she said, okay, I'll do it. P.S. and Horace sitting in the tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. That is the weirdest thing I have ever heard of in my life. She sees Ramus, and the first thing she says is, I married you. Like, if I saw David Tennant, the first thing out of my mouth would not be, I had a dream about you last night. We got married. Like, she would unfortunately it. start stuttering, and all she would be able to get out <laughs> is feel me. Let's make a list. How many different ways can we think of freeing Sirius Black? Okay. Number one, we can find the people with red hair. Okay. Well, that seems really hard. Do, do you know anyone with red hair? I don't know anyone with red hair. Do you? Okay. You don't know anyone? Okay. No, neither of us know anyone with red hair. Uh, could we ask people that we know? Maybe Dumbledore. Hey, Dumbledore, do you know anyone with red hair? McGonagall, do you know anyone? Anyone famous with red hair? Anyone? Do we know anyone with red hair? Okay. We could do that. We could, you know spend 30 seconds and ask people that we know if they know anyone with red hair. But let's not do that. That seems too complicated. Let's go with plan B, okay? Plan B, we're going to break Sirius Black out of Azkaban, which will involve swimming all night in frozen water while you're a werewolf. It may not work. It may not. You have a 50-50 chance of dying, but we're going to go with that. And in the event that you're able to carry out this plan, we're going to kidnap the boy who lived, and we're going to go into the witness protection program. How's that work? Does that work? Okay, let's do that. Gosh, I hate talking over people. I'm really sorry, but I just wanted to say this before we get too far away from what you had said, Ryan. And I know you're laughing at me because I talk over people all the time. No, I'm laughing. Yeah, we're laughing because that's all we do. That's all we do. Why are you here? Are you like, geez, shut up. Well, I just, I want to give everybody a chance to to express their opinions but what i would say oh, you know you know you don't always think of the easiest solution Clearly, and it, it could just plot, be they even said do we know anyone with red hair there's millions of people in the world with red hair let's break them out of jail right. i know i was like, like it was in the sense I'm, like, I'm like the weasley they were, there was like 18 people in the order you didn't bump into them at the staff meeting like, it's quite possible that molly and arthur were the only red-headed people in the order but there are other redheaded people in the world, you know, especially when you think of Irish lasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a hell of a lot of redheaded people in that part of the world. I love how she said lasses. So you was like Irish lasses. I don't know why. It's a, it took me a minute to decide. Eyeglass. <laughs> but she uses it as a device, as something that's necessary for you to understand what the hell is going on. Uh, God, I have a potty mouth tonight, don't I? <laughs> she does put song lyrics in fix, and that absolutely drives me crackers. Oh, well, okay. Rena, we've been explicit since 25. <laughs> 25. You could be like Joe Biden and say bullshit right now. I'm going to leave it in. <laughs> true, true.
When you put something in italics as an author, I have to feel that 50% of your readers are going to skim. Yep. No, what is that? Yep. You know what the two things are? You always skim the stuff in italics, and if the person doesn't speak English, you always scream at them slowly. What's up with that? Yeah, that's true. You, I never read the instruction manuals because they're always in italics, and I always scream at Spanish-speaking people in English. As if you speak slowly and loudly, they will understand you. Can you speak slower? Like, that's going to help. I don't get it. Yeah. You know it, it, it's human and then when they bold the italic stuff, forget it. No chance. Exactly. Get it. I know what he's going to say. I know what he's going to say. Somehow, you're going to work in that the series starts with the end of the series, and you have to like go back. You know how it ends, so the whole part of the story is like watching it so that you know how it gets to the other part. And then the other part is that you know like the, uh, the writer like knows what's going to happen before then, right? Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Not Am I right? really. You know like you're, you're, like, you're like totally wrong, but you were almost there. So what happens <laughs> is he does commentaries of every episode. And what it is is it's literally him sitting in his house. His phone is ringing in the background. You can hear the dump truck outside the door picking up the trash. His kids are running and screaming, and he's drinking heavily while watching the episode giving behind the scenes. And this stuff goes like on the DVD. Like, it's hilarious to listen to. There's a character on it, Baltar, who is this brilliant genius. Think of, like, Bill Clinton. He sleeps with every woman in sight. He destroys the human race. He gives the bad guys the key to destroying the human race. And you compare him to Bill Clinton. Well, he likes to sleep with people. And his response when finding out that he just ended the human race is, and I quote, am I going to get in trouble? Like, he's he's extremely self-centered. And the thing is, is there's this beautiful woman, this girlfriend that he knew who turned out to be a bad guy. He sees her in his head and she's walking around in these skimpy dresses and she's giving him advice on things to say and no one else can see her. So you as the audience wonder is she a chip in his brain? Is he insane? And he's imagining her and you never can tell if she's real or not. Then you try and like watch all of her scenes. Is she telling him anything that he doesn't already know so that maybe she's an illusion? Long story short, in the last episode that aired, there's a scene where he is standing up to a security guard who is telling him to get back and he, and he won't get back. So the security guard smashes him in the face with the, with the back of his gun and he falls down. And, and, and the woman in his head you know, tells him you need to get back up. So he gets back up and the guy knocks him down again. And the point is, is will he be seen as like a tragic hero and will the people you know, stand up for him? And there's a moment where she says you need to get up and she grabs him by the shoulders and tries to stand him up and they film it without her in the scene and it looks like he's being picked up by wires and lifted up. Why? 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 Why would they do this? All of the, the fans of the show said, oh my god, she's real, because it looks like she, like this invisible force is moving him around. So the writer is watching this on the podcast going, yeah, uh, I wasn't on the set that day, and uh, he shouldn't have done that, and uh, yeah, pretend that never happened, because um, I think that was a terrible moment. So everyone and their brother figured out that she's this force in his head, and as it turns out, it was just bad acting. So anything that Anne puts in here that we're saying, oh, it must be this, or it must be she was aiming for a whimsical first ten chapters, or whatever. Maybe she just didn't like what she wrote. Maybe it came out different. I, I just want to point out that, that I think we're going to probably analyze stuff a little bit too deeply. And I am very, I am very prolific. I, we actually, for those of you who don't know this, there's a running commentary, and everyone's like, oh my god, he is still talking. He's actually still talking. Oh, Lord, 
Like, I'm going to read this to you. Brenda, short story long, anything by Charles Dickens. She, oh Lord, yes, or anything where Ryan tries to explain the plot. Short summary is not one of his skills. He's prolix. Ooh, have it. Like, it's... We were having a side discussion about characters from the show Lost. Yeah, Lost. And so she was talking about us, not you. Oh, thank God. Because yeah. I was about to say, I don't even know why people listen to me when I speak, but whatever. I love you. Oh. Can I just point out that as I'm now living with a girl, as I said that, Danielle came walking into the room, and as I said, I don't know why people listen to me, she's nodding her head. Super soulmate power. Activate. You I, know. That. I want to name you Rena the Pink Ranger or something. I don't know if I didn't want to tell the story. This is the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me. Nobody is going to let me live this down, especially Ryan. Kill it. I had the worst week of my life last week, so I decided I'll go home this weekend. On my way back, there's all this construction in Pennsylvania. I don't know what happened. I kept going on, I think it was 81, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, this doesn't seem familiar. I look at the map. I have the GPS thing. Nobody's going to let me live this down because I managed to get lost with GPS, but the next biggest city is Montreal. Montreal? What? <laughs> so I like went all the way up New York without even realizing it. You were in my neighborhood. Isn't that like several hours? It yes. is. I've got my map out. Oh, You're in Pennsylvania. Yeah, anyone goes to Montreal. <laughs> After bone up on your French. So, so you're in Pennsylvania, like near where Mac lives. I don't know where I And am. you got on 81, which goes through New York. Right by me. I almost visited Mike by accident. I probably almost visited Mac by accident, too. Mike is not on my map. I'm from New York he's, City, but currently he's I'm green. He's on Florida. What? What? Now that we've updated the map. <laughs> what is this map exactly? I never heard of this thing. Gee whiz. All right. Let me find you the thread. Don't you know about my map? So far behind the times. For the love of Merlin and all this good, you are boy. What, what form? Get I don't, it together, I man. I read like 10 forms. I had a parcel and I went on the podcast and I went, oh, wow. I've got a map. Remember that? <laughs> Wait, when you had a what? I've got a map. Oh, my God. Forget it. Forget it. See, you know why I never saw this? Because I don't go into Muggle one. I'm not a muggle. I'm a witch. <laughs> <laughs> Mike is a witch. <laughs> no, no wonder he doesn't understand impact. <laughs> I'm a witch. Okay, seriously, if y'all could see my dog right now, he looks so pitiful. <laughs> Which one's the one that you had sex with? That one? What? Go to puffwaexchange.com. I'm not going to tell you how to spell puffwat. It's a secret. And P O U F W A, because there's people out there who were spelling it with the H. I think it's all the Brits. I'm not sure what's up with the H. There was no H in Puffwa. Dumbledore is just a nice guy who wants a Christmas card. Uh, your perception of Dumbledore has been colored by the fix that you've been reading lately. It's been because honestly, Jen. Well, there's only really one thing in these all these chapters that I really wanted to say anything about, where the gentlemen are playing catch with Harry. Mm-hmm. The introduction that little thing says a gale of giggles trailed in from the den room to the kitchen where Danger was doing paperwork. What paperwork could she possibly do? Let me, I just want to clarify this, Renny. Your concern with the scene wasn't the fact that they were actually playing catch with Harry, as though Harry were the item they were playing catch with. Your concern was that Danger was in the other room doing paperwork. Well, see, now you're going to make me out to be an irresponsible person. 
I'm like, okay, I understand the fact that Remus did the I'm so happy and gave his house away, which was a little conspicuous. You know, I, I appreciate the fact that the oars were so stupid that no one picked up on any of this yet and that Remus's face isn't plastered on every telephone pole in England for stealing the, the boy who lived. I can accept that they may go to Hogsmeade under the guise of it's very busy and people won't pay attention to them. I can understand the fact they're not going to be shut-ins and that they're going to work and that she's going to still have her truck and that they're going to live 20 miles away from where the Jerseys live. I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with those things, but I'm just thinking that at some level they need to demonstrate some consideration of the fact that they're undercover to some extent. And I appreciate the fact that they teach the kids that, you know their den names versus their outside the den names and that stuff is good, but okay. Bring your kid to work day is not a good idea. Do not bring Harry Potter to the Ministry of Magic because what will happen is you will all be kidnapped by Death Eaters. Joe Rowling at heart wants to be a gay, year old, purple wearing, buckled shoes wearing wizard. I totally have a t shirt that says, I love my dead gay headmaster. That and the other. No one kills me. Now that we know what Snape did on the Astronomy Tower turned out to be a hate crime. <laughs> nice. Somebody call the ACLU. Ryan. Ryan. Hit the button, Ryan. It's just been a dreadful day for Peon Carson. We'll start with what happened to Gen 2. Yeah, what happened to Gen 2? I feel really, really bad about that. Like, I really feel like it's my fault. Did you, wait, did you really break Gen 2's computer? Yes. Yeah, ruined her life. She can't be with us. Richard is unable to join us. And Tina is unwell. I was, did like, you just messaging. Call her Tina? Did I say it wrong? Don't mock me. And then we pull Julia in off the street. This is take two of this one because we lost it completely. Completely last time. So we've asked Ryan to help us out and I was messaging him and he wasn't answering. I think he was putting his groceries away. My son started having the biggest crying fit I've ever, ever heard. I had to bribe him with a Wiggles colouring book so that he would be quiet. He's fine now, <laughs> but I was just on top of everything else. Gen 2 is here. <laughs> now, if Ryan adds her in, we can have like a most wonderful podcast ever. <laughs> Ryan didn't answer me. He doesn't talk to me. So offended. <laughs> <laughs> That's Everyone not true. Protesting. He does. Hello. Oh, you're here. Can it hurt my I just have to tell you this moronic idiot story. Here I am in like this big techie. Oh, I can do anything. I can fix my computer. I can take things apart. I am screwdriver woman. I'm not afraid of a computer. No, not me. PS says that the keys don't come off. Yes, they do. What do I do? I pull off my S key. And then the little mechanism that makes the key go bouncy, uppy, downy, you know, it won't go back on. And then I'm just like, oh, fuck, it won't go back on. I'm like, I can't live without S. S is a very important letter. S is in all types of words. Very distressed. Can you imagine what would happen on Pofa if you decided to not use S ever? There would be a revolt. It would be a disaster. There shall be no S's. So I send P.S. this note. I'm like, I'm not podcasting tonight. I have to get my computer fixed. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this on there. I'm going to get this on there. I'm going to make this work. I can do this. I took it off. I'm going to put it back on. And then I'm looking at the little hooks, you know, and I ended up breaking the little hooks that hold the S key in place. And so I think that I can just go through my life without seeing the S. (laughs) 
happens if I'm just like, well, P.S., my S key comes off. I am. Yes. And can't get it back on. I may be worthless on, you know, talking about the fic tonight, but <laughs> <laughs> at least I made it. Even if you're boycotting the S. Throwing my whole well, evening, I lurch to see if you can get your S key to come off, because I really do, and I'm staring at it. So I'm not going to touch it, but I really have the urge to distract. Don't touch it. No one else touch their S key. <laughs> do not try and take your keyboard apart. There are S's in the title of the fic that we are covering tonight. Oh, nice segue. Because who would want a crit ma like none other? This is the story we're covering tonight because there are no S's on Beyondcast. So <laughs> it's putting Beyondcast. No, it's it's Beyondcast. I would have to be P. I've been waging war against these two pictures I've been having hanging up. Like, every time I put one up, uh-huh. the other one falls down and all the glass shatters, and I have to pay to get it fixed, and then I hang that one up, and the, the other one falls down and breaks. And the glass it's happened like Yeah, it's happened like three times. I'm staring right at it, it's hanging up now. You're not sitting directly under it, are you? No, no, I'm slightly diagonal from yeah. All right, well, I would, <laughs> I would back away from it, back away from it, and um, it implies there's some type of haunting going on, don't you think? I mean, pictures don't fall. How much have you spent I, to get the glass fixed? Altogether, probably like 80 bucks. Have you ever yeah. thought of going plastic? Do, do they do that, really? <laughs> yeah. They're kind of nice pictures. I think part of the <laughs> they were, they yeah. falling off the wall. <laughs> Because I think, like, like, I've also bent, like, 50 nails trying to drive them into the wall to hang it up. I think that might be part of it, because the walls are cinder blocks, and I keep, I don't know, it's, it's pretty hard to drive the nails in. Uh-huh. I, th- I think we're doing damage to, to you know, our motto of the men are the organized, reasonable ones. You know what I've heard, though? That, that if you're going to invest in any country, uh-huh. you should be investing in Canadian or Russian shipping. Because they're saying because of the what, the crazy weather, uh-huh. all of the ice is going to melt in northern Canada, and uh-huh. it's going to open up new shipping lanes. I have a question, though. Yeah. If if northern Canada melts, would that not <laughs> flood the world and kill us all? <laughs> It'll flood only the coast, but there'll be new shipping lanes. Let me get this straight. You want me to invest all my money in Canadian shipping lanes, even though I'll be dead? <laughs> you can you can move to Canada with your newfound money. Am I going to get warning before this happens? Is this like a seven-year <laughs> melt, or is this like you wake up on Tuesday and there's a I have no idea. All I know is it's happening. It's coming. All right. I I have to just say this. Anne, in our private message here, has just said the following, quote, unquote. So I think I pretty much established myself as nuts. I just want to say this. Compared to what you've heard in the last few minutes, she thinks she's nuts. Aletha, is that how you pronounce her name? Aletha, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I I was thinking she has to be a death eater, basically. And yeah, and I'm thinking it for two reasons. It came into my head because I'm thinking, well, what's the reason we could possibly have Mm -hmm. why we don't ever see her in canon? If she's Sirius's girlfriend, kind of, you would think Sirius would want to get in touch with her in canon after he's, uh, you know, free. And so I'm thinking, well, the only thing I can think, she either has to have died or maybe like she turned out in a death eater between you know, Harry age six and Harry age ten canon. And then there were like a couple of things along the story that kind of reinforced that. Like when a uh, snake, who obviously would recognize her maybe if she went to Death Theater meeting, say, when he stumbles across and they find that out, I think I had it highlighted, but she just starts freaking out and panicking. Everyone else is kind of calm and she's the one that's all panicky about they have to get out into the house, you know, like, oh my God, what if he recognizes us? What if he comes by? Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and there's like a couple of other moments like that. So Alethea looked out the back door for a moment. We have three hours the pack can get can get out. We can't afford to be here when they come, and they will come. Now that Snake knows we're here, he won't hesitate an instant. Sirius bit his lip, looking torn. Letha, he said quietly, they're not after you. You haven't done anything. See? And then she goes on, and I think that was like a, a hit from Anne, Sirius's reaction. Uh-huh. You haven't done, you think I'm reading too much into that? 
Padfoot ends up covered in uh, condiments. I, d- I just like the phrasing of some of it. You fell asleep in the sun. That made you hot. Therefore, you were a hot dog. And certain inhabitants of this den took advantage of that. We come from a fandom where Harry is frequently pregnant. And, you know, Mike, just brace yourself. It, it happens. And he delivers children on his own through butt sex. You know, for anywhere here. Wait, what? What? We have a very diverse fandom, and sometimes Harry is a cat, and sometimes <laughs> Harry is a teenage girl having PMS. And there's a side to this fandom that just amuses me at times. Okay, Ryan, you got to send me some fix because I don't. <laughs> CPS. PS has the butt sex fix. Go CPS. Okay, that's not the one I want. I want the cat one. There's the cat one's <laughs> out there too. There's a cat one out there. So this is the fandom that we have. This is the first story I have ever read that plausibly made Harry a small black child. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. And all I can think of is Dan Radcliffe would be fired because he's now a black child. Picture Ron and picture Snape. Ron, because he has no friends, remembers Harry and Hermione at the playground, and he, <laughs> he's fixated. He remembers like every detail. And years after running into a couple of kids at the playground, all he remembers is, I wish they were my friends. Now, picture Snape, okay? You were Severus Snape. You are a double agent. You have to fool Voldemort or Dumbledore or both, you know, depending on where we are in the storyline. You are just a brilliant human being. Now, Harry Potter, Draco Malfoy, and Sirius Black walk by you every day. And you could picture him sitting at his kitchen table with a cup of tea in his hand with that inquisitive, huh? like Peter Griffin look on his face. And all of a sudden, you can see the changing seasons behind him. And he now has a beard, and it's now fall. And he's still sitting there trying to figure out what he just saw. It's like he's, he's like, I must make a note of this. And he writes the clues down and puts them in his book. His and then like a year and a half later, he's like, only I can remember the name of the kid. And he pulls the thing out. He's like, yes, I have it. If Ron were there, Ron is sharp as a tack. You have the ability to telepathically communicate with your wife, danger. And you know, now you've, you've gotten the six month alert. You've gotten the six month alert. Okay. Six months ago, we found out that, that Snape could be here at any time. You now know he's stalking you at the local market basket. Now you're like, hmm. So you go home. Now you don't assume that maybe he's in the cab behind you. You go home and you kiss your wife and kids goodbye and send them to the local fair. And I'm just like, stupid, stupid, stupid. So, of course, he goes inside, and, of course, within moments, Hermione has been captured. But here's the good thing. Now, this is what I love. Parents everywhere, train your kids. When a Death Eater comes to take them, now, this obviously assumes, you know, you're in the Witness Protection Program, teach your kids to, without any noticeable hand gestures or use of sign language, teach them, on command, to elbow them in the crotch. It could save your children's life. I love the way it ends off Dumbledore sitting down to explain to Snape exactly what he thinks of him. Which, considering the fact that Snape eventually murders Dumbledore in cold blood... Hey, Dumbledore... No, that's not. That's a mean thing to say right there. That's a mean thing to say. Okay, maybe the cold blood part, but he actually does kill Dumbledore. But it's not murder. Would you prefer assisted suicide? Thank you. All right, so Snape <laughs> is definitely not one of the brilliant people. Snape. Definitely not one of the brilliant people. Don't uh, be mean to Snape. Remus, I- I'm sorry, you're up with Snape. You sent the family to the amusement <laughs> park. Ron and Sue the grocer, sharp as tacks. Those people are on it. They, they, they're just brilliant. 
Dumbledore, I'm sorry. You're hiding a family. You were the witness protection program, and you're leaving the stuff on your desk with 53 dead headmasters staring down at your desk with portraits <laughs> all over the world. I mean, that, like that, like McGonagall. What, oh, look at this. Shall I look? I believe I shall. All of a sudden, we have a major security breach. This is how people get killed. Dumbledore's office has the stupidest alarm system on it. They're not into crime prevention it's not like having an alarm in your house so when someone breaks into it you know, it will stop the intruders the alarm system in Dumbledore's office is more like take whatever you want but we're going to keep an itemized list of everything that was stolen he comes in what was taken McGonagall came in and she looked oh crap gotta go get her so unfortunately in the time that this all happened McGonagall shot everyone and you know the, the whole story ended we're dealing with two different camps here now I have to say I'm 27. Sometimes when I know a secret, I'm like, oh, I know a secret. I know a secret. Like, <laughs> like, like, I'm going to tell you, I know a secret right now. I'm still not telling anybody, but I know a secret. So, like, Mr. Hint? No. We're going to have a baby! You're dealing with four-year-olds, five-year-olds, with a big secret. They're in the witness protection freaking program. And they keep the secret brilliantly. <laughs> these kids should really, I think, live with Sue the Grocer, because these are Mensa kids. This is just <laughs> tremendous, tremendous stuff. Now, okay, Obviously, the, the, the plan about the amusement park was not successful, so we have to move. So we're going to move in with Aletha's aunt for a little bit. Okay, so they travel to America, coach, apparently, and the brilliant adults thought it would be a good idea to put all of the eight-year-old kids on a plane for eight hours with no source of amusement and not drug them before getting on the plane. And so they fly to America, Aletha, serious danger. Remus. As we have established, these people are just pure brilliance. And they have obviously missed the fact that Aletha's aunt is, you know, Amy, is, is, is very high up in the wizarding world. They have obviously, they have missed all of the clues. They have missed the fact that they are actually staying with a wizard for several weeks. I love the point later where they mention her name to Dumbledore. Oh yeah, she's the one that works for the bank? Yes, Alba, she's the one that works for the bank. Thank you for asking. Unfortunately, they screwed it up. So they round about, they go back to England, and they move in directly next to the borough. Luckily, Harry, Hermione, Draco, Drake to some. These kids are just fantastic. And I mean that literally. These kids have done what no child has done before. <laughs> Anne has just typed witch to me, so I'm assuming I didn't call someone a witch and I called someone a bitch maybe if that was the case. I apologize. And you called Amy a wizard. I called yeah. her a wizard. Really? Yes. And no one stopped me? Wow. I'm not a muggle. I'm a witch. They meet Luna for like one tenth of a second. And Luna's already like, I think you're Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, and you can tell Harry's like, crap. I wish they called me Matthew. Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> now he's sweating bullets. <laughs> he's got an inner ear infection, and he's like, I'm not Harry Potter. And Luna's like, okay. And Ginny's like, you suck. At the very bottom, Snape, okay? Snape is the stupidest character in the, in the, in the storyline. Directly no, above Snape. Good. Yes, yes. Snape, way at the bottom. Directly above Snape, Dumbledore. Directly next to Dumbledore, uh, Remus. And <laughs> next to Remus, Aletha. I'm going up. We have the Rugrats. The, Why is Aletha stupid? Because Aletha d failed to note the fact that her aunt was very big in the wizarding world. Because she is a wizard herself. Now, the, the most brilliant character so far as of Chapter 37, Luna Lovegood. <laughs> She's the most brilliant character in this book. I just love that. She's like, you're Harry Potter. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. We have to move. Minerva's pretty far up there. <laughs> she walks directly into Dumbledore's office, and there's like a manila <laughs> envelope that says, do not open this if you don't want to know where Harry Potter is. So you're... 
you're Minerva McGonagall, and you find out where Harry Potter is. And your first reaction is, Dumbledore is nuts. To which I say, well done, <laughs> you. So she's like, I need to investigate this. So she goes to her office, and she puts up the little clock on her door. This is be back in 15. And she turns into a cat. So she goes, and she finds them. No, no, I'm sorry. McGonagall is down the ladder. Here's why. Here's why, okay? Now, let us remember the hierarchy. Snape in the basement. Above Snape, Dumbledore, Aletha and uh, Remus. Above them, the Rugrats, Luna at the top of the pyramid, right? Okay. Now, McGonagall has, you know, she, her clock is up. She's got 14 minutes left. She's gone off to investigate. She arrives at the house and is instantly identified by Padfoot. Actually, no. Padfoot, because of the thing where anime guy can recognize anime guy. That works <laughs> for me. Now, if it was Remus that recognized her, that would be bad. Because Remus, as we know, is on level two. So if level, if she, I would put McGonagall down with Snape. You know, McGonagall, you know, is chased into a tree and is almost, that would be tragic if Sirius, unfortunately, ate Minerva McGonagall. Now, Mike, I have a question for you. Have you considered the fact that this could all be an elaborate ruse on Anne's behalf and that danger could be a figment of Remus's imagination? <laughs> What do you think? Um, well, not really. <laughs> Have you ever seen anyone else other than Remus acknowledge danger in the story? That's a good point, actually. Have I? I haven't seen any of the... Do we ever see... When do we see Sirius talk to her? Direct? Well, no, we do see that. How do no. you know Sirius is talking to Aletha on the other end of the room? The, I would be so impressed. This would become my favorite fic if it had, like, a um, fight club. Not to, not to spoil fight club. Have you all seen fight club? I haven't. Oh, if this had a fight club ending where it turns out that it's like, you know, that really uh, Remus had a split personality thing going where like he was he was danger and himself and every time he thought like Sirius was talking to danger he was really talking to Remus that would be freaking awesome oh that would be good what do you think possibility there's a whole bunch of times that they're kissing that I think that would kind of you know mess with all in his head all in his head but, actually, but you know what I have thought about a lot with what if Aletha's not there what if Aletha's not there and Aletha the Death Eater yeah Aletha the Death Eater may not be there and she is the representation in Sirius his mind of of love lost and the life lost. And that could explain why she's on the camera. Wait, oh my god, she's being possessed by Voldemort. <laughs> well, my plan doesn't really work because then you can't really explain Megan. Yeah, there is that. Alright, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was just, while you guys were doing your accent thing, Anne and I were talking and I better ten bucks I could convince Mike that Remus <laughs> and Danger were the same person. I will mail you the check. Because the prophecy itself never made sense to me again. I still, people tell me that prophecy all the time, I'm like, I don't get it. It makes absolutely no logic sense to me. Do you read the prophecy in the canon? No. But you've determined that Aletha is a death eater. Yeah. What does it mean one one can't live while the... Wait, you said a line to me. Neither can live while, while the other, other survives. survives. What does that mean? How does that mean what has to kill the other? Oh, it's just like a bloodbath in here today. Neither can live while Mike's the getting survive. very upset over here about the prophecy. Are you listening to this? Aren't they alive right now? Clearly they could both be alive while the others are living. I mean, they're doing it right this second as the prophecy's being spoken. Well, before we answer that, I think we should address the more important question. How dumb are you? The whole they can't they have their full life that they'd want. Voldemort can't take over the whole world if Harry's around. Harry can't live with no one attacking him Mike, every June. Kind of, Mike, around. it's kind of like, you know, Air America and Rush Limbaugh. One of them must go for the other to be happy. Oh, that, that's, that, that really means one has to kill. I mean, it's kind of like it's one of those, this happens with all prophecies. They only make logical sense after. 
after it's over. And then you can look back and go, oh, I see it. Metaphysically, you can't be happy and complete unless it kills the other. But, I mean, like, if you actually read it word for word, who says, who reads those exact words and knows that has to mean you have to kill the other one? It didn't say anything about killing. It just says, neither can... Well, I, I forget the line already. Did you read the prophecy in the canon? No. But whatever it is, it means like it never actually. He said they're both living right then. So clearly, there's something contradictory going on. Nobody talking. Please tell me nobody's talking. Oh, so, oh sorry, Chief. I forgot you weren't here. We're um. <laughs> you're, 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 you're typing. No, I'm, I'm typing to Scott, and because I brought Mickey Mouse, and he's now singing that song in their head. M I C K E Y M O U S E Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse. Oh, back, Mickey Mouse. Oh, back. Forever may oh, yeah, hold your banner high, high, high. When I first went to New York City, when Danielle moved there, I was in downtown Manhattan in a coffee shop, and I called Chi. I'm like, Chi, where are you? She's like, I'm in Manhattan. I'm like, let's do lunch, not knowing she was in the Midwest. <laughs> Funny story. <laughs> Always check the state you're in before you start coordinating a meeting spot. Autoerotic asphyxiation. That's like the worst way to die. What, what is that? And stop giving her hints, but what is that? It's choking yourself to death while masturbating. You can do that. <laughs> Autoerotics are people who choke themselves to get off. Or that's one of the things. Yeah. Oh, oh, God. I thought you meant like you were choking anyway, so you thought you just masturbate, so at least you know you... No, no. Autoerotic asphyxiation is suffocating while masturbating. I watched the Law and Order episode about it. Yes, yes, yes. She stopped playing along. This was not meant to happen. None of this was supposed to happen. This was meant to be a ten-chapter-long, completely fluffy, plotless stick. Something happened. My roommate in college and I, we had this fish, and his name was Sherlock. I went on vacation. I asked my friend Becca to go in and feed him and stuff for me while we, because my roommate and I were both going out of town. So on the second day that I was out of town, I was going to be gone for the week, Becca called me, and she's like, I'm so sorry. I went in the room, and, and Sherlock was dead, and he was floating upside down at the top of the bowl. And I was like, oh, crap. All right, I'll just get another goldfish when I get back. So uh, the rest of the week goes by, and I come back, and, and Becca met me at my dorm because she still had my key. And I said, what did you do with the fish? And she was like, holy crap, I left him in the bowl. I was like, oh, great. Now my room is going to smell like dead fish. <laughs> so we go in, and it had been, a, I mean, a week since anybody had even been in the room. His bowl was like one of those giant martini glasses. Well done. So well done. There was maybe an inch of water in the very bottom. And so here's this dead goldfish in the bottom of this bowl. And I was like, oh, crap. I guess i got to go flush him down the toilet. So I pick up the glass and we walk down the hall to the bathroom. We dump the contents of the glass into the toilet, the contents of the glass into the toilet, and the fish starts swimming around. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if he was in like a little fishy coma and the water of the toilet shocked him back to life. But whatever it was, that fish came back to life in the toilet. I have a question, and I, I believe I speak for many of us. Did you retrieve him from the toilet? Yes, we did. Okay. We fished him out of the toilet, and we no put him back intended. in the goldfish bowl, and damned if that fish didn't live for like three years after that. Very brief story about something I did with a betta fish. We had this like <laughs> we're about to go R-rated. Just so you know, I'm hiding under the desk. It's like if McGonagall and Moody had a love child, don't, it don't, would be Tom. Ah, I say it. You this, had to say it. This is this is who I picture Amelia Bones to be. Like I'm picturing her in my mind walking 
down the hallway of the prison, chewing on a cigar, and like, you know, <laughs> like swallowing parts of it, and making the following noise every couple seconds. <gasps> like, I'm just, that's what I'm picturing. So I'm picturing her walking down, and she sees Andromeda being held prisoner by this deranged killer series black, and she's like, oh, hostage situation. Oh. What is she, Tonto? And then they expect people to believe that, and it's like, no, life does not work that way. All of a sudden, Harry's going to wake up one day and realize that he just really loves the penis. You know, that's just not <laughs> how... I hope works. he wouldn't put it like that. I've read I some... I hope he likes like his own. You know, I mean... I've read I, don't know, I don't know what to say about that. I'm, I'm going to leave you No, know, Harry literally wakes up one day and he's like, hmm, I feel different. What's wrong with me? I know, I'm gay. I will admit I have read stories where Hermione ends up with somebody else and some of them are pretty good. Go on. And I mean... Sorry, Rena, who does she end up with? Various people. Anyone in particular? Not really. Don't lie. I write drugs. I didn't mean to do that. I got to the end, and I was like, oh, man, I just, I wish there was another chapter. And then, bing, there it was. I was like, holy crap, this is so exciting. It's uh, easy to read, and I think, you know, probably makes my top ten all-time favorite Harry Potter fan fiction list. It there was a uh, light shining out from under my desk because I am blushing so hard, it's illuminating the whole room. And I just have to say, she is the woman <laughs> in her bathroom who yells at the damn kids to get for a lawn, so the fact that we're getting praise on cheese is pretty damn good. So eventually you may be able to see a few things you couldn't originally, and some of it's a little odd. I'm from Perfect Weekly. Odd yes. in my life. In the third chapter of Facing Danger, the current story and what will be the last one, I, well, let's just say you see a gravestone and it's got a name on it that you'll recognize. I just have to ask, it's not mine, right? No, it's not <laughs> No, we haven't seen yours yet. Jesus, Brian, the world does not revolve around you. Well, <laughs> hatred of me tonight has no bounds. I'm just telling you, anything could happen. <laughs> I am a sock. My dog picks me up and runs around with me. Ah! 63 cookies and you didn't even have the decency to get sick! When you write my death scene into Living with Danger, could you possibly, when I'm buried at sea, have a southern woman fall off a boat? Is that possible? Can we do that? I didn't think that she was using tongue. No. Well, then I'm fine with it. Jen just finished up with her appointment before she heads home. She's going to pop in and say hi. Brittany gets to fangirl somebody. I'm like, Jen, your number one fan's here. I think she has a poster. I'm so nervous now. <laughs> oh, oh, please, it's Jen. She'll probably throw up and leave the room. Jen, did you meet Anne? She wrote Living with Danger. I can't remember. No, I, I, I Jen. I was throwing up. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hi. You're not throwing up. That's very nice. <laughs> I wasn't throwing up your story. <laughs> I guess I'm Ravenclaw. Yeah. <laughs> Jen's like the Don I'm as a perfect weekly. She wears whatever shirt is winning at the moment. Well, I called Ryan today, and I was really upset that I could only be Ravenclaw. And I was like, why can't I be all four houses? Like, and he's you're like, not a bad you, fic. You can't be in every other. Willing to be a uh, semi-Mary Sue. I could do that. I, could, I have Mary Janes. Probably wouldn't work with my leather fetish. Donna is a lady. <laughs> Yes, Donna is a country in Africa. I've heard of Donneria. She was walking across a street in New York City, and a seagull was walking next to her. And the seagull <laughs> jumped off the ground and flew in front of her and turned around and flew into her abdomen from, like, four feet away. And she, like, almost toppled, grabbed her abdomen, and screamed, Oh, my God, I have bird flu. Thank you for being a friend. Mm.
Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. I've got to somehow get the the phrase "B. Arthur" into the title of this podcast. I am not B. Arthur. No, Aretha is not a Death Eater. This comes from the Department of Mature and Well Thought Out Responses. It goes like this. <laughs> We're going to pause a moment while we figure out where exactly in a Harry Potter fan fiction I could have stolen a line. Don't look at me. I'm new here. I have a feeling I should know this. You didn't steal <laughs> it from Cassandra Clare because that would be awesome. No, I didn't steal. I don't even know Cassandra Clare. Neither do I, but <laughs> I've heard stories. Yes. Come on. What is my source material? Geeky stuff. <laughs> Are you both being deliberately obtuse, or is it just that it's 12.45 in the morning? It's 12.45, it's 12.45 in the morning. morning. <laughs> Who did you steal the damn line from? Come on, don't play these games. I'm sorry. Okay, I stole I stole the line from J.K. Rowling in uh, Philosopher's Stone, Sorcerer's Stone, whatever you want to call it, wherever you come from. Uh, oh, you know, you had, you had said something like it was a fi- we're, we're from fan fiction that I have stolen. No, I did not say I stole it from fan fiction. I just said I stole it. Oh, you'll we'll play back the tape. Oh, I can back the tape up. We're going to pause a moment while we figure out where exactly in a Harry Potter fan fiction I could have stolen a line. Fan fiction, fan fiction, fan fiction. Because I was actually thinking J.K. Rowling, then you said something. I did not say I stole it from a fan fiction. We're going to pause a moment while we figure out where exactly in a Harry Potter fan fiction I could have stolen a line. You can't set up a joke badly and then yell at me for not getting the answer. (laughs) I did not say that I stole it from a fan fiction. We're going to pause a moment while we figure out where exactly in a Harry Potter fan fiction I could have stolen a line. Here, we'll do your eulogy for you while you're here. Anne, which is not her real name, beloved writer, banker, <laughs> teacher, plagiarist. Hi, everybody. This is Omley. Hate to interrupt. Brian just told me that he wanted me to take a moment and record this for you, so here's a true story. It's sad. It's funny. Um, if you're easily traumatized, you might want, want to listen forward a little bit, and we'll see how that goes. Anyway, this is true as far as I know. Um, the story happens to a friend of mine's dog sitter. So what happened was she works in the Boston area, walking people's dogs during the day while they're out and working, and she went to Beacon Hill, which is a very nice area of Boston, um, to go walk this family's dog. And unfortunately, she got there and she found that the dog was dead. And obviously, she was very upset. She contacted the family. She didn't know what to do. I mean, what do you do in a situation like this? So she called them, and they were like, it's all right, it's all right. He was old, and we knew this would happen. So we have arrangements made with our vet um, to take care of burial and everything else. Could you possibly take the dog to the vet? So she's thinking, I need to take the dead dog to the vet. Okay. Well, it gets better. Um, turns out, like many Bostonians, she doesn't have a car. So she somehow has to get the dead dog to the vet via public transportation. Now, this seems like a pretty big task. So she points this out to the family and is like, well, you know, I don't have a car. I don't know how I'm going to... This is a pretty big dog. I don't know how I'm going to get him to the vet. And so between the two of them, they come up with a plan. And it involves taking the dog, wrapping it in towels... Gently, humanely, in as much respect and everything that they can, and putting it in a suitcase, and then taking the suitcase on the tee. So she gets the dog, she gets on the tee okay, it's really heavy, because the dog is pretty big, but they somehow managed to get it in there, it's a big suitcase. 
and she's having some problems getting the suitcase wheeled around. And she's getting off the tee, and she finds that she's having some problems. And there's this very nice gentleman, and he asks her if she needs any help. And she's like, no, no, I've got it. But, of course, the tea doors close, and he manages to, you know, put his arm out and stop the doors, and he helps her get the suitcase off the train. And he goes, oh, my God, what do you have in here, rocks? So she thinks quickly and obviously doesn't want to say a dead dog because she's a little nervous about, you know, get taking a dead dog through public transportation anyway, besides the fact that, you know, is this regulated or something else, and promptly comes out with electronics. Well... Um, the world is full of honest people, but what happens next is he stole the suitcase. He quickly snatched the suitcase and ran away with it as fast as he could, and she chased him and yelled and, you know, tried to get help, and it turns out the man got away with the suitcase. So, I don't know. I guess you have to wonder what happened when he opened the suitcase later, but my big question was, how did she tell the family? Can you imagine? But, I don't know. Don't know the answer. I asked my friend, and he didn't know either. Anyway, so, back to your regular programming. So, we're starting with With All My Love this week, which is yes, why our dear Lady T is <laughs> out. So that we can say all of the, be brutally honest about how we feel about the story. And hello? 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 That's like the sick-sounding ring. I mean, it just, it sounds like it's like, oh! <laughs> like it's about to die or something. I don't know. Hello? Hello? Hi. Hi. Hi, Jen. Oh, my Hi. God, it's Jen. Mike? Yeah, how's it going? Good. Who said hi before Mike? Uh, Might have been me. Which is who? <laughs> Tina, who is that? Brian, who is here? Tina, Rina. Hi, guys. Brian is not. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> Actually not here, and he's not going to be here for a little while. Oh. Wait, who else are we calling? Hey. Hey, P.S. Hey, Mike. Who else is in there? Jen, Tina, Rina. Hey, everybody. Hello. Jen, what have you been up to? How's it going? Me? What have I been yeah. up to? Yeah, yeah. Uh. wow. <laughs> <laughs> So when's the uh, due date? Um, February 8th right now. Oh, my God, that's two days before my birthday. I had my first OB visit a couple of weeks ago, and I did some blood work and blah, 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 and I just got the results today. O positive and blah, blah, blah. And everything's good, and they were like, everything looks great, but, um... Something's wrong. You had E. coli. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what, like like the mad cow thing? What? Yeah, so apparently I'm being treated for E. coli right now. Wow. Isn't that weird? Are you even kidding me? No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Oh, sweet and Jesus. So that might be why you're so sick. Brilliant. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> here she's blaming it on the poor... And she's got... <laughs> I know. Hey, I wait a minute. Ryan, like, I, I know, I know. <laughs> e. coli does not cause mad Sorry, there is no sound effect for E. coli. You have reached Puffwa's resident Jew. Like, these are the things you don't find out until you're married for a year or two, and then they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we have to name our firstborn son this because that's what we do. And I'm like, um, no. But he, our son has to have the middle name Russell, which I hate. I hate that oh, name. Oh, yeah, yeah. My husband is Sorry, John Sorry, Russell's Tyler. out there, but I hate that name, and I don't, I don't like the idea of being forced 
to find a first name to go with the middle name Russell yeah. just because it's tradition. John Tyler. Like, his father is John Dennis. His grandfather is John <laughs> Carl. Before that was a John David and then a John Samuel. And so I have to name my firstborn son John. And I think that is just the dumbest name. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. <laughs> That's right. You're liberated. <laughs> I'm so, liberated we woman. We have a John thing in our family, too. But John Walter, John, oh, it just goes on and on. But everybody's named John. What you should do well, is, well, it's a tradition in my family that the firstborn girls all named, pick a really horrible name. So the compromise is you both drop the pre-name thing. My there mother's name is Edwina Ernestine. I don't think I can get much worse than that. It's a cool <laughs> name. Oh, I, I like my it. My grandmother is like, why doesn't anyone name anybody after me? I'm like, your name is Peggy. Everyone keeps laughing at at me, but I have a mortal fear of cockroaches, and I woke up a few days ago, and there was one like inches from my face, just sitting oh. there. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was, that was my I reaction. Freak. I, I, I did freak. Uh, I was too bad kids is not here because she could talk how like I was panicking for like uh, days. So I'm on the computer late one night doing computery things and I get a Skype message and it's Mike and he's slightly freaked out. So of course I ask him why, thinking he may have had some sort of near-death experience or seen his hand double on the street or something. You know, something freaky, out of the ordinary or unusual in any way, shape or form. And Mike says, I woke up and there was a cockroach right there. It was near him. It remained hidden somewhere, its beady little eyes watching and waiting for the chance to get him. So I said, relax. And he says, but it's serious. How can I go back to sleep? It's still in there. He was like, it's taken over my bedroom and my life. The little pyromaniac was about to get his blowtorch out and torch the blanket. So, in a feat of great heroics to save Mike and in a random building somewhere in New York, I abandoned whatever I was doing to save Mike from the cockroach. Mike commenced gagging when I told him how I picked up one off my foot and I threw it against my bedroom wall, and then that's when he confesses that he calls the exterminator. So I was like, you called the exterminator for one cockroach. He's like, yeah, whatever. And then he hysterically recounts the attack on the cockroach by various bedroom items. But it has evaded a capture and escaped to the depths of his bedroom. I'm like, dude, it's a cockroach, not the plague. Apparently, his cockroach phobia is huge. I'm like, no kidding. So I did my Mr. Miyagi impression. Breathe in, breathe out. Don't forget to breathe. But Mike ignored the breathing thing, and he began a somewhat long rant about how he couldn't sleep in the room, and he'd have to throw out the bedding, and he wouldn't be able to touch his books, and all his clothes are in there. I suggested the use of gloves, and introduced him to the world of bed linen washing and disinfectant. The next crisis involved dire predictions that if the cockroach escaped, before the exterminator got there, it could come back, hide somewhere he couldn't see it, and lie in wait for him. I turned ruthless. I'm like, look, Mike, I think they use killing gas. It'll be fine. He needs to kill it for me, he says. This exterminator has to kill it for him, and he has to tell me it won't come back, and I can't sleep in there for at least a week. So Mike's going to sleep in his lounge on a chair for a week because of this cockroach. So I'm like, Mike, no one's going to hunt for it and destroy one cockroach. Go to the supermarket, get a roach bomb. So then Mike's like, what's a roach bomb? And in the cockroach, he's like, it was on my bed. And, then, and I'm just like, okay. So I explain the purpose and execution of roach bombs. Mike considers moving apartments like he did every other time he saw a cockroach. And I'm like, you move every time you see a cockroach? Dude, get a roach bomb. Mike returns to the fact that it was on his bed, and he compliments me on my calmness. I'm like, well, I'm half a world away in a cockroach-free environment, and I am Kessa, the cockroach slayer. That one that hit my bedroom wall didn't stand a chance. 
So Mike's clinging to my comforting and calming presence on Skype and he keeps going on about how nasty cockroaches are and he doesn't even keep food in the house because he doesn't want to attract them. So I explain to him the concept of getting rid of any germs by cleaning. Mike then informs me that he's on the table hyperventilating. What if the cockroach touched him? I'm like, nothing, nothing happens if a cockroach touches you. Mike's like, what about the rabies? No, there is no rabies. So then he goes to his room to have a look, and he threw books and paper towel at the corner where it was, and then he thinks the exterminator's going to think he's crazy because of the books and paper towel that he's thrown. And I'm like, he's not even going to think that's the crazy part. (laughs) So I'm explaining the concept of rubber gloves and washing clothes and the use of roach bombs, and Mike is jumping at everything he sees at the corner of his eye that resembles a cockroach, like pens and, and marbles, you know, that sort of thing. So it's been 45 minutes, and Mike's like, where's the exterminator? I'm like, Mike, I'm pretty sure they don't see one cockroach as an emergency. It's not the fire service. So he seems fairly calm, right? I think we're going well. Well, Richard decides to tell him that cockroaches lay eggs under your skin. So there I am, Googling for evidence to the contrary and yelling at Richard on Skype. What did you tell him that for? And Richard is just laughing his head off. So Mike debates leaving the house, but he's worried that the cockroaches are going to have a party on his furniture while he's gone. So before he goes, he tells me his three rules of dating. Don't be ugly, don't be totally stupid, and have to be willing to deal with cockroaches. He is willing to compromise only on the first two. My fellow Puffwanians, good evening. Hi. 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 Voice from beyond. I have to tell you, I've been listening to the last few minutes, and my I've been just blown away, blown away by the intelligent debate. My favorite part has to be when Mike said... This is my opinion, and I sort of kind of believe it. I have a wonderful story for you that involves a fireball and hair loss. I had um, a relative drop in this evening unexpectedly, so I was talking to her. She had been grilling, and apparently... This is something I could actually see happening to Jen. She was grilling, <laughs> and she tried to turn the, the flame up, and it wouldn't it wouldn't turn up. Hmm. So she did what any logical person would do, and she put her head directly over the grill. <laughs> and that's oh, when no. the fireball shot out and burned off her hair and eyebrows. Oh my god. Oh my god, is she okay? She's completely fine. She's completely fine. She had to get an emergency haircut. You you couldn't even tell by looking at her. So now it passes into that amusing territory. And all I could think of is if that had gone the other way, I would be here to tell you tonight that a member of my family had been killed in a freak grilling accident. Oh, my gosh. And that makes you think of me? I could see you do it. Okay, Jen, if you heard that someone was involved in a freak grilling accident, wouldn't you think of yourself? <laughs> see, we created Jen. a bad image of me, I swear. Jen, how are you feeling tonight? Are your feet up? Actually, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Not because I'm swollen, but because I'm very comfortable. Do you know what we discovered, Ryan? <laughs> what did we discover, Matt? That apparently... Matt, Matt, Jen... Matt, Mike, Mike. What you mean, <laughs> discovered, Matt? <laughs> Whoever the hell you are... What have you found? <laughs> I feel so unspecial. I mean, we discovered that apparently Jen's problem with pregnancy isn't due to her being pregnant, but due to her having... Was it mad cow disease? E. coli. There's no sound effects for E. coli. Get over it. E. coli, yes. <laughs> no, I was joking about that one. Well, I mean, the mad cow. Jen's I really do have E. coli. The point where Jen gets erectile dysfunction is the point where I'm going to start to believe that Jen's just making it up. <laughs> oh, that one would frighten my husband. Well, yeah, that would probably frighten James more than anyone. <laughs> so anyway, the long story short, my cousin's been referring to her as Uncle Leo for the past three hours. Jerry, hello. Because you want to remember that Seinfeld oh. episode where Uncle Leo blew his eyebrows off and they had to paint his eyebrows back on.
on with the magic marker, and he looked like angry Leo for the rest of the episode. So that's where my evening has been, laughing at the trauma. Event. That's awesome, You're awesome Ryan. You know what? I'm an inspiration to the kids, Tina. Yeah, I your, guess so. Have your eyebrows grown back yet? Because well, no, sometimes been, they don't grow back. It just back. happened today. Well, it's been like, well, it happened like, I think it happened yesterday. So it's been like 24 hours. They're not back in yet, but. Well, the same happened to my mom, and they never grew back for her, actually. Your mother blew her eyebrows off in a free grilling accident? It was, it was actually a stove. She stuck her head in the stove, but, uh, and it, yeah, she <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know, before I was born, but all my life she had to draw her eyebrows on because they never grew back. Her hair grew how, back. How much was back. it before you were born? Like an hour before you were born? No, <laughs> this kid won't come out. Get me to the stove. I think it was like 15 years before I was born. <laughs> was she cleaning the stove? I, I don't really know the details of it. I just know, like, hey, mommy, why do you draw your eyebrows on? Oh, because when I was younger, I burned them off in the stove and they never came back. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to tell my cousin that because I want her to have hope. I'll keep you informed. Week by week, we'll keep you up to date with the Jen's Did pregnancy. Did I make eyebrow wigs? Oh, my God. Jen, Jen, do you own, do you own a, Jen, do you own a Sharpie by any chance? <laughs> Now I'm serious. Like, what if you didn't want the weird blonde thing? What if you actually wear? You'd either wear nothing, or you'd look like Whoopi Goldberg. Is basically. You should put Rogaine. Rogaine. Like, I think that might help. But you won't know. You won't notice. So, like, if you see her, you don't guess that she doesn't have her eyebrows. They look. I have a question, and I don't mean to turn this into eyebrow cast. Just a question for the ladies here. Like, Mm -hmm. ninety-year-old women, they not only draw on their eyebrows, but they actually use like a shiny sharpie it's like they draw back and forth like a small child trying to color do they think nobody knows i don't know anybody who's 90 (laughs) what happens is as people get older their eyebrows fall off and they don't come back or when they do come back they come back really pale like does that happen to everybody (laughs) we're always like oh god my poor cousin i was laughing at her so they grow in in a different color and they're usually lighter but it doesn't occur to them that that's going to affect the way that they do their eyebrows. <laughs> so they still outline their eyebrows and just draw stripes where they used to, but it's not the same color anymore. It makes a big difference. Oh, that's so sad. we ever have a Rinna Lady Chi cast, I am scared. Because I'm not joining. Because I think when you just put the two of you together, you'll hear the celestial choir singing. Oh. Like, yeah, exactly. And I just think Snark will be reborn. <laughs> I don't get it. Well, you wouldn't have to think of a of a name for the podcast because it would just be Snark Fest. Exactly. Well, Mike cracks me up because Mike does not think that she has a snarky saying, bone in her body. I don't think Rena does either. I don't, all these people that everyone keeps saying is snarky. I don't see it. Do you know what snarky is, Mike? Isn't it sarcastic? Yes. When is where is she sarcastic? She's always this. She's oh my god! She's the queen of the eye roll. <laughs> but she's straightforward with it. She's not sarcastic with it. She tells you to your face like it is in a sarcastic way. I don't know. I don't see it. She's friendly. She's like straightforward, honest. Yeah, I don't course. know. But I she's... think what you just have to do is everything she says, you have to pretend that she's doing it with an eye roll. And it actually helps right. bring the snark alive. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what it could be? It could be all this time I've been taking everything she says seriously when she's been sarcastic. Oh, she hasn't meant a damn thing she said. She that, that, would, that wouldn't surprise me, Mike. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I love the fact that we're doing one of our own here because usually we're like, and Aspen did such a wonderful job with this, and I really like what Viridian did with that. Yeah, now you know like, that Chi, what the hell were you thinking? thinking. <laughs> yeah, you know she's being snarky when she's like, I really like the fix. 
Really? <laughs> and then there's like much leak. serious. Leak. <laughs> yeah. Cricket, 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 cricket. <laughs> the, the, the best thing Lady Chi can do when Lady Chi doesn't like something is you ask her, Chi, what do you think of this? And there's five seconds of silence. Very, very, very nice. Or she'll say, well, I like the way she does this. Like, she's trying to find <laughs> like the most, like, the nice thing she can say about it, you know, and you can always tell. Well, no, Rina does that. Everyone, listen to episode number seven. It's the one where I hit a deer and was unavailable to podcast. It was a Rina Jen podcast, and Mac joined later. This is the butt sex episode, for those of you who are confused. <laughs> oh, I just, I just listened to that a little that. while ago. And in the very beginning, I forget what Jen said, but Jen said something like, Rina, what do you think of the ladies' parlor? Like, it was the best thing ever made on, on our park. <laughs> and there was a pause, and I ch- it was like literally a 12-second pause I cut out during editing. And all you hear is, it's very nice. I like it very, very, nice. very much. <laughs> and I'm like, how can we make her sound interested? So I added in, mm. So I would do my usual 45-minute monologue at the beginning of the podcast, and everybody would go, mm-hmm. And I'd be like, when are you even listening? Mm-hmm. But it sounds like she's doing the laundry. So in one podcast, like for the 17th time, I'm like, Brenda, are you still listening? And she's like, <laughs> so what I did was I edited out every mm-hmm, like all 197 in the podcast, and I replaced it with... I remember that one. <laughs> Half the time, you would not be able to tell that when we started this little endeavor, nobody had any idea what the f- they were doing. And you know what? A year and a half later, we're still grasping with that same problem. Rena was in episode 11. Then we kind of lost track of Rena. Episode 21, she came back. And it was myself, Jen, and Mac. We were back. And for like 27 minutes, I noticed that Rena had stopped talking. And I'm like, Rena, are you all right? And there's like no answer. I'm like, Rena. And then you hear it. She's like, hey, guys, I've been gone for like half an hour. I had to run to the store. You hear me? In my defense, I only left like that once. They're like, Jen? Yeah, how many times have we heard, Jen? 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 (laughs) We're having a ball this weekend on the Perfect Week before, and by the time this airs, our grandchildren will be planning their own balls, and we'll all be dead. It's also cheering. Yes, Jen's unborn child will be hosting Perfect Weekly at that time. But I'm actually going to... Teacher headmaster. Yes, exactly. I'm going to actually... I'm actually going to read someone's yearbook entry, because I think it sums up our... Our form quite nicely, but the thing I oh, love about our form is you can click. <laughs> Tina's typing in the background. The thing I love about our form is you can see what people are doing on there. So you'll go to you know who's online, and you know Tina will be using the spell check feature. And all Jen, right, all right. And Jen will be typing, and I'm like, oh, Jen's typing a response to my to my private message. So I'll go, I'll get a bite to eat, water the lawn, and I stand there like a moron with the hose in my hand for 20 minutes, and then you know I I, I, I turn three degrees to the left and I water that portion of the lawn, and you know the town comes. By and tells me there's a drought, and I spray them with the hose, and you know, we get into an argument. And I come back in the house, and I click on who's online, and, and Tina is using the spell check feature, and Jen continues to be typing in the same way. <laughs> and my question was like, how was your day? And Jen is the most prolific person you're ever going to meet. Like, I, I love our team because she will type, you know, like a couple paragraphs. And Jen will type, you know, <laughs> this like, like by the end of it, you don't even know where it began. And Rena will be like, bite me, I'm tired. You stupid Republican. 
I like Republicans. Go Republicans. Well, she's from Texas. She has to. Somebody has to defend them, right? I could just be like the. Well, there's only six or seven of them left right now. So someone. Yeah, before I went to college, I literally did not think there were any Republicans. Well, maybe until I hit like 15, I didn't think Republicans under 50 existed. Did you not know this? The governor of your state for 12 years was a Republican. No, he, not, no, he wasn't. Pataki? Really? He was oh, a Republican. But he, he wasn't governor. He wasn't governor back then. He was the governor from 1994 to 2006. Well, I don't even well, live in your state, and I know this. When was Cuomo governor? 82 to 84. No, uh, 78, like 78 to 92. You don't remember him? I, I, I do Mike remember him. Mike Huckabee was governor for a while. Yeah, he was yours. Mike Huckabee? Yeah. Mike Huckabee was all yours. Yeah, Mike Huckabee yeah. was all yours. Yeah. Wait, Pataki was all only famous for losing weight. Can I just tell you something? I don't know why, but I loathe George Pataki with a passion. There's some people that you meet and you want to wash your hands after you meet them. He's like, yes. he, he just reminds me of the type of person who holds a press conference because he thinks people should be able to hear him speak. After the, the September 11th terrorist attacks, he would do these commercials saying, I love New York. And like Rudy Giuliani would be wearing the, you know, the Yankee cap and I'm from Boston and I didn't even mind. And you, know, you put all these famous New Yorkers up there and you'd be like, yeah, I love New York too. And the talkie would come on. I'm like, boo. Like, I just, there's something about the man I can't, I don't know. Republicans are fine. I just can't stand George Pataki. I'm not sure why we're talking about George Pataki. But you know who I never liked? Who's that? Schumer's Sorry. daughter. Who? I went to school with Schumer's daughter, and she was horribly stuck up and spoiled. Okay, well, for those of you who are voting at the next Senate race in New York, don't vote for Schumer. This is by Starry Skies off of the Parfait Weekly Forum. I just thought this was really cool. Um, we're doing yearbook entries. Uh, we're going to make a Parfait Weekly yearbook for our members this weekend, so everyone's sending in their entries. I know Jen's is on its way. Tina's working on hers right now, and I'm sure it's on Rena's list of things to do. She writes. Wait, we're doing what? Okay, this. Your I'll, yearbook entry. You're doing yearbook entries right now. We are? Yeah, I'll send you a link. What do we write? I don't know. What is a yearbook? Uh, what is it? What? <laughs> What's <laughs> a yearbook? <laughs> So what is, what? Our, what is our year? We are answering three questions. What is your favorite moment in the Pyrofic Weekly podcast? What is your fondest memory of the forum and the time you've been here? And any additional comments or memories of the podcast or forum can include craziest moment, funniest activities, coolest game, whatever you want. So you just talk oh, about I thought you'd do that. Starry Skies actually put one up. She's a Hufflepuff, so she gets top billing. She writes, my favorite thing about the forum, you can be 12 or 59 and you can still be treated the same. All of us here on the forum share something special. We all enjoy the Harry Potter books, and that has brought us together in ways that can never be changed. You can be talking to someone around the world in 30 years your senior and not know it. Advice can be given from people who have been in a similar situation. You can play games. You can just hang out. That's what I love. You don't have to be anything for anyone. You can just be. Then you can't be 12 on the forum. You can actually not be 12 in the forum. Thank you, P.S., for catching that. That is, that is true. You must be in the moment to register. If you are 12 on the forum, we have to, um, unfortunately, expel we you. We have to kick you off until you're 13. We, we do, and we apologize if that oh, spoils the moment. P.S. is now in a management position on the forum, so P.S. is walking around with her Rose K. Brown clipboard. like, And she's actually putting, like, yellow stickers on everything. We don't know why. She had my car towed. It's hilarious. I love it. Hey, P.S., I think you should change your screen name to Rose K. Brown. You totally what? should. So cool. Secretary, there's a, char- there's a character in After the End. In After the End, uh, Arthur Weasley is the Minister of Magic. There's like a council. She's, a like, she's Lavender Brown's older sister, and she's like the liaison between, I forgot like, that. between like the wise and gamut and cool the minister. Let's say. She's this government agent. She walks around with a clipboard going, oh, too expensive. Oh. And like she crosses things out. Like, I think she vetoes the budget in Chapter 7. She's a very powerful person. But, um, 
you just remind me of Roseke Brown at the moment. So if if a if a dragon tamer PS starts hitting on you, um, just marry him and have lots of babies. Who in the name of God hired the conductor of the train? <laughs> I just I, I just want to say this. It's like okay, now this is to me just bad staff work. You have an entire generation of children. Even when we do the State of the Union, we leave the Secretary of Agriculture out in case there's a bomb in the building. I mean, I know where that's from. Yes, I know. Where is that from, Mike? West Wing. Well, they actually do it in real life. West Wing just, but they actually do leave the Secretary oh. of Agriculture out. So sometimes they leave Dick Cheney out just for the hell. Of so, okay, they put all of the children. Just like, can't have like you didn't know that happened? No, they did that. I, I, didn't, I didn't know it was always the, the agriculture person. Well, no, they do. Can I just tell you, they had Dick Cheney's chief of staff on C-SPAN testifying before Congress today. I just said, I'm going to be as nonpartisan as I can. He actually growled at Congress. <laughs> <laughs> so, he did. They asked him a question. He's like, oh. I frankly don't know what you mean by unitary theory of government. Have you ever heard of that theory oh, before? Oh, I have. I've seen it in the newspapers all the time. Do you support? I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. You're you're telling me. Your question. You're you're telling me you don't know what the unitary theory means. I don't know what you mean by it. No. Do you know what you mean by it? I know exactly what I mean by it. Oh, he's angry. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, um, okay. So they have entire generation of children on this train in a state of war. Now I can't even get on a train anywhere without getting sniffed in an inappropriate place by a dog. I mean, Voldemort back. Death, destruction, locusts. Okay, they're on the train, like on a seven-hour journey, and the only guy they have... A three-hour tour. Exactly. And the only... Literally, the only guy they have is Gilligan in the engine room is the only adult... Like, seriously, (laughs) what was their game plan? If the train comes under enemy attack, the conductor and the woman who drives the candy cart are going to defend everybody? They knock on the door, and they're like, we noticed a very high-pitched buzzing. You know, the Hufflepuffs are bleeding out of their ears. Is anything wrong? And then the train dies. He's like, apparently something is wrong. I'm calling for help. And the children say, okay, we should go outside and defend you. Like, it just, like, it was the weirdest. Like, I, like, I just. Can I just say yes. that I was kind of confused by the train itself? And I think, I think this is going to be what? like Harry and Ginny on the boat. I think this was a little confusing. Kimmy, they get pushed out of the boat, but onto a rock. Oh, oh no. Jen oh. remains silent. Silence. The train, they, she like, climbs up a ladder in your door. Well, no, it's like, okay, P.S., have you ever seen Back to the Future Part 3? No, it's like Indiana Jones. Like, there's no thing. No, Jen. This is Lord of the Rings. Jen Jen wrote the story, and she, okay, P.S. Okay, when they climbed up to the top of the train, there's a hatch on the top of the train that you throw up, and then you climb onto the roof of the train. Haven't you ever seen a cowboy? That door, I was yes. Picturing, I was picturing, because she said she said she pulled it down, but I was picturing it on the side of the train. Like, I was picturing them climbing up the ladder, and there was, like, a door on the top of the wall, and that she pulled it down and climbed through and, like, over the corner. Yeah. You know what I was confused about? too complicated. <laughs> I was confused because she's a girl, and they're in their, are they, I can't remember, are they in their uh, Hogwarts uniform? Are you wondering if, if Jane no. was looking up Lily's dress when they were climbing the ladder to get on top of the train? 
train. Okay, the train comes under fire. They reinforce the defenses on the train, and they save everybody. And they're back at school, and it's like, okay, pat on the back, good job, you know, um, get on to algebra. It's like, what the hell just happened here? It's just... You think too much. Is Lily's best friend, because I really like the best friend, did she get that from somewhere, or is she just an original character? What was it of her that you liked? That she was kind of nice and sarcastic, and like, uh... What's the best... <laughs> yes, she is actually Chi. I mean, it was unconscious on her part. She only noticed it after she'd written it. But she realized that the character was coming from her. Good. This is helpful. Mike, that is snark. Kathleen is a 16-year-old version of Lady Chi. I have to rethink all these Chi comments that we're taking her dead serious on when she says she liked the pets. You know what to do, Mike? If you have some free time, listen to the series from the beginning. You're, you're gonna, it's like the sixth sense, dude. You're gonna, it's but you know, but you know what the crazy thing is? I told people, like, oh, yeah, and I, I've been podcasting with Chi, and her favorite fic is this, and she loved when this happened. I have but... a question. What do you think her favorite fic was? Um, Shoebox was her favorite, I know. What other ones and did she enjoy? Oh, you're like none other I did with her a lot. I know she liked that. Uh, Nightmares of Future Past, <laughs> I <know> she liked. <laughs> or, or maybe I'm wrong. Jen so has to name her baby Elvendor. What is that? Who is Elvendor? It's unisex. Oh. <laughs> Who is El- who is Elvin Dork? Is El- Didn't you read the card? No, it's Elvin Dork in the. It's in Joe's eight hundred word prequel. Did you not read I, that? I skim. I no, read it. Like, I read it. Ryan, I skim. Wait, wait. Call yourself a fan. Damn you all! Do you know how many fix I had to read? <laughs> someone recommended Elvin Dork, or maybe it was Wayne, or someone. Recommended yeah, that Elvin was why. Dork. And I'm just like Wayne has really crappy taste in names. Oh, Ren is like I hate the Marauders. I don't hate the Marauders. <laughs> oh, Ren, I read the. Snark is back. So was she not serious when she said that? Yeah, that was Rena telling a funny. Like, I wanted him to go hunt it down. He wouldn't go looking for it. He just put traps down and said, I bet on you in a fight. Hold on, I have yeah. to read Kez's message here. you got to do the Kez. accent too, Ryan. I, there's no way I can do the accent. <laughs> I can't do the accent. Because it always comes out British. I think it was the fear cockroach that made Mike talk. I had him in one window last night on a table in deathly fear of a roach, waiting for the exterminator, and Dave in another telling me he had a prowler outside his house, which turned out to be an exterminator. That is ironic. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Keza. I'm Jen too. I'm Tina. I'm Mike. I'm P.S. <laughs> This week we're recording a member's choice pick. That was what I was supposed Yay. to say, wasn't it? It's called Not, Not a Last, Last Resort. Resort by Arabella. Has anyone got any notes? Um, I can um, type some up. We like Jen to style notes. I have talking points. I wouldn't call them notes. Where does Hagrid go to the bathroom? It made me think, like, isn't it a one-room hut? I wonder where he does go to the bathroom. There's that a bathroom that was in the hut. Point. That was just me thinking. I really do not want to think about Hagrid going to the toilet. There's a bathroom in the hut. Where do you think Hermione is sitting throughout half the story. But it's, so I know in the story there's a bathroom in the hut. I'm saying it made me think because in canon it's a one-room hut. I don't, I don't think, think it says in canon. canon. Okay. I hate to say this, but I had the same thought today. <laughs> I always thought Hagrid, honestly, I always thought he would have had like an outhouse. Yes, he's got a That's dunny. Right. I figured he went to the forest or something. <laughs> I'm rocking back with some forwards here because you people are talking about Hagrid's toilet habits. I don't <laughs> but I mean, I mean, Hermione was sitting on the like, toilet. Like, no, Ron vomiting into the toilet. And I'm like, he has a one-room hut and he's good running plumbing? <laughs> and then 
you know, I can't really see Haggard as being someone who would actually hit the hole. He's got the huge belly going. I can't really see around. You know, I mean, I have to clean the toilets in this house. I know what it's like. Well, literally, I just assumed you like went behind some trees. I'm going to my happy you know, place. So, and I'm seeing Ron there with his head in the bowl, and I'm. Thinking, <laughs> You're making That's me dumb. cry. <laughs> he needs some scrubbing bubbles in it. <laughs> Snape is a prick. No, he isn't. There should be one dance where the girls all have to ask the guys. Yeah, that's called the Sadie Hawkins. There is. It's called a Sadie Hawkins. Sadie Hawkins. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know about Sadie Hawkins' dance? We all rattle it off. Yeah. That's I went Sadie to an all-girls school, and I know about Sadie Hawkins. I don't know what Sadie Hawkins is, in all honesty. It's a dance when the girls have to ask the guys. I don't know what the origin is. Let's Wikipedia it. Sadie Hawkins' day. Wikipedia. The Free encyclopedia. Harry is a clueless male. If even Harry thinks that Hermione snogged Victor Crumb, then I think we can safely say Hermione snogged Victor Crumb. And when you're a 15-year-old girl and he's 17, yeah, yeah. He was totally into her. He was illegal in some states. Kissing is not illegal. Well, what are you I on about? It's a Georgia thing. It is when you're in a parked car in the middle of the woods. <laughs> Because to me, on my first date, with Tia, I'm not going I think there. technically, it comes to right even kissing girl. would be illegal. I think it wouldn't it be. Kissing is not illegal. <laughs> you don't remember that case in Georgia? We're sorry seven. to the. We just yeah. offended all Georgians. No. I'm referring to... How is it possible to, for it to be illegal for a 17-year-old to kiss a 15-year-old? How? You don't remember there was that case a while ago where he got 30 years... At least he didn't say that. What do I remember? I'm not American. <laughs> he got 30 years in prison now. Kissing and oral sex are not even close. Kissing is not illegal. My, you're a lot of stock people. Just no. So I think it's a very nice kiss, by the way. Getting it back is. To it's very sweet. This conversation is so clearly a girl-dominated conversation because the guy conversation immediately goes yeah, how far did you get that's the first thing the guys have. all right how far did you get then i can be a bloke i'm gonna turn up the testosterone or, um, what, what i've scratched What's myself i've scratched myself and now hey mike <laughs> how far did you get you mate second base <laughs> In this episode, Ryan sounds like a Dalek. Rina is almost assassinated. I'm half dead. And Julia loses cats on the unsuspecting masses. Also, if you are sensitive to certain words, beware, as the language is slightly more colorful than usual. Dead it! Welcome to the place where the story never ends. <laughs> I've been mugged at Temple before, so it's not like I'm not used mugged to it. at Temple. Well, yeah, I, it, it was my first week at, at the uh, school, and oh, you're oh, I'm sorry, your school. I thought you <laughs> went to pray and you got mugged. <laughs> that is awful. Did they catch no, uh, it? Oh, it, people God. make the mistake all the time. It's it's hard when you go to a school called Temple University. But <laughs> I just knew you hung around with Julia and you got mugged at Temple. I'm like, oh my God, that's a hate crime. <laughs> 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 but uh, it, Temple's horrible. I mean, you step in one wrong area and you're literally risking your life, but uh, it's a good school to decide that. But, uh, you, you, should, you should give tours. I have another friend who's also a sci-fi fan, so she and her husband and Leo and I, we went to the movies together. And Leo, he's probably seen the other, the original three, just maybe a handful times when I've made him watch him. He really wasn't even into it as a kid, which being a kid of the 80s was impossible not to, but he wasn't. So we're leaving the movie theater after watching Phantom Menace, and we're just ch- chatting about some things that 
happened or something. And I don't know what it was that it, somebody said, but the lights just came on with Leo. Because he said, as we're walking out with this crowd of people who had just seen the movie, he says, You mean Darth Vader was Luke's father? I am the father. No, I have to just remind you, he's a really bright guy. He's a very bright human being. He did not get that. And he, re- he reminded us of this when we were, at the, we were at the bar, and he told us the story. And we're all, like, here's the thing. I am the dimmest light bulb in, in the box. And even I got that. Like, it was in the promos. Like, even I got that. And we're all looking at him in disbelief. And he looks at us, he's like, what? I smoked a lot of dopamine. What? What? <laughs> and I'm like, you were married to Melinda. Like, this is cracking me up. I just actually have a question now that I'm thinking of this. If Richard were here, Richard would be going off in a Harmonian bandwagon right now. I know he would. How did he get on? Or, or a Snape. Or a Snape. He, he's a big Snape fan, too. But we, but we met him through your... dig into Jewel and I both about that. But we, we met him through your mailing list. Yeah, isn't that funny? And How you know what? <laughs> Richard claims to be a Harmonian. That steamy kiss, or however you want to describe the... Uh... You mean page 116? <laughs> yeah. You know which page it's on? It's not on page 16. In- I have the British yes. version. What page is it on? It's at Harry's birthday, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's before the wedding. Before the wedding, after the groom. Out of your page 99. There's the silver lining I've been looking for. Thank <laughs> you, I'm with you, Richard. I'm with you. She whispered, and then she was kissing him as as she had never kissed him before, and Harry was kissing her back, and it was blissful oblivion, better than fire whiskey. She was the only real thing in the world. I'm not listening. The feel of her, one hand at her back, and one of her long, sweet, smelling hair. The door bang open, and Richard and P.S. crashed the party. That would have went on much further. I would have burned the party down and been outside. And yet, yeah, you chose a Harry Ginny where they nuzzled each other like a pair wait, of hold, unicorns. Hold, hold, hold. Hang on. Stop, 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 stop. Why were you looking at sink into your eyes to find your fan fiction pics? That's where I get most of my one-shots from, and that's where my own fix are posted at. Mm-hmm. So. Are they? You know, that's kind Favorite. of ironical. What's your, what use, what's your name on there? Same thing as it is on Puffwa. Three stories on sink into your eyes. A Harry Ginny fan fiction archive. Imagine that. His author name is Lonely Riddle, and he has three one-shots on there. And if he tries to tell you he doesn't like Harry Ginny, he must be lying. <laughs> the one thing I noticed about the earlier chapters, the one you covered last week, mm-hmm. where were the boats to get the first years into the castle? There were no boats. How can you have the students arriving in Hogwarts with no boats? There were no boats? There were no boats. I can't recall. How did they get to the castle? <laughs> I don't either. Did they just jump them over to the castle? It or? didn't mention the first years getting to the boats there for that to getting into the castle that year. Yeah, they just ended up all of a sudden they were in the castle. Well, was there the asterisk, asterisk, asterisk segue to the castle? Or was it just like they were walking, 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 walking? Oh, my God, we're in the Great Hall. They were on the train on the roof, and then all of a sudden the next thing they were at the castle. Well, they could have jumped ahead. Yeah. Well, did the head boy and the head girl bring him across? Because you only go over on the boats your first year, correct? In, in, right. And when you graduate. So. The first years need boats. Well, maybe they just weren't with the first year. I mean, they were. I mean, they were seventh years in Melinda. She can't tell us everything that happens. I guess. All right, that's true. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> See that? I just I calmed some fandom way. <laughs> He goes up to the astronomy tower. Now, all I can think of is, I know this is written before Deathly Hallows, but can you meet me at night on the astronomy tower? We'll always have, like, kind of, like, a weird connotation. Like, yeah, that's like, meet me in the cemetery at midnight. Um, no. <laughs> no, no, no. The astronomy tower is much more usually associated with restricted section stuff, right? 
people, this is true, too, although I'm picturing Dumbledore <laughs> flopping back over the main wall. Hormones are raging. Thank God it's not shoebox or else they'll all be naked the whole time. You know, they're, they're dealing with all we these... Half-Blood Prince. Without a Half-Blood Prince? <laughs> that's, just the, that, that's the impression of Half-Blood Prince, isn't it? That's the puberty. Well, the, well, the, that's what that's the uh, director of the movie is. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought there were naked marauders and, and Half-Blood Prince. I'm like, Melinda, I know you read these things more carefully than that. Please point to a chapter in section. Thank you. Uh, while I didn't was the uh, fact that if you when he when uh, something is really echoing, it was that kind of scary. There was like a ghost on the call that was frightening. <laughs> that was like your dead great grandmother was trying to tap into the call, and you're like, Dad, Dad. I'm like, Oh shit, are we getting this? At this point, James becomes Captain Kirk. <laughs> And if anyone's ever seen a classic Star Trek episode, what always happens is there's the computer running the planet. Computer on. Record. Recording, dear. Computer, you will not address me in that manner. Computer. Computed, dear. And it's enslaving all of the people. And Kirk talks to it for five minutes. And he, and he like, blows the computer's mind with endless monologue after endless monologue. Like someone else that you know. What is a man? But that lofty spirit, that sense of enterprise, that devotion to something that cannot be sensed, cannot be realized, but only dreamed, the highest reality. Just endless monologues after endless monologues. And, and sparks shoot out of the computer, and the people are free. Oh my god, guys, my coffee just kicked in. I just got the fact that Melinda was making boat comments about Lady Cheese Fick. I'm sorry, Tim. <laughs> wow, I can't believe that went over my head. Play back the tape, everyone. Where were the boats to get the first years into the castle? There were no boats. How can you have the students arriving in Hogwarts with no boats? There were no boats? There were no boats. I can't recall. How did they get to the castle? <laughs> I was so serious, like, guys, I hate to tell you, but I think Melinda's being kind of bitchy here. I didn't think that was that much of a deal. I just got it. Wow. All right. Wow. Yeah, that was supposed to be a joke. Obviously, didn't go over well. Wow, 27 minutes later. What's your story? My mother-in-law is evil. Did she, did she cut your vocal cords? She got a cat. Oh, no. <laughs> She got a cat. Are you afraid of waking? I'm allergic. Oh no! I'm very, very allergic to cats. And my mother-in-law is evil, and she knows this. And she got a damn cat. (laughs) I have a question: Is she trying to kill you? First, you were a Dalek. And now you sound like a mass murderer. Wait, what's a okay. Dalek? Uh, oh, J- Jen, just listen to the podcast sometime. Okay, Rena. Wait, what's a Dalek? Oh, for the love of Thank God. Thank you. Thanks, Julie. <laughs> I want to know there no problem, Jen. Doctor oh. Who. No, it's... Apparently, I had some technical malfunctions that made me sound like that. As for today... <laughs> Today, what happened was that I visited my mother-in-law, and she got a cat, and I'm very, very, very allergic to cats. And not only did she get a cat, she didn't tell me that she got the cat. So I didn't take any medicine with me when I went there. And, I mean, I don't think you understand exactly how allergic to cats I am. Like, I have to carry an EpiPen in case I run into a cat. 
I'm dead serious. I'm, I'm really exactly searching. Well, she's broadcasting. She must I know. Did you, did you jab yourself with the EpiPen? Well, I, I was in the house, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my God, I can't breathe. What the hell is going on? And, like, my eyes started, like, my face started swelling, and I broke out in hives all over my body, and I couldn't breathe, and I'm, like, reaching for my inhaler, and I took, like, a couple of hits on my inhaler, and it wasn't helping, and I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me? Oh, my God, what's going on? And my mother-in-law was like, oh, yeah, I got a kitten. It's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I had to go to the emergency room and get a shot because I didn't have my EpiPen with me. And I, I will, I will set off in a full-blown allergic reaction if I run into somebody that has a cat and has cat hair on their clothes. All right, let me ask you a question. Do you think your mother-in-law was trying to kill you? You know, I, 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 the nice, hopeful part of me says no. <laughs> Jen, what the hell are you saying? I was saying I'm melting like the Wicked Witch of the West. Then I I went, meow. You have to love the fact that Jen has been through so much shit in her life. As other people are like, I almost died today. Jen is mocking them. (laughs) I am not. Didn't I just say that the Wicked Witch of the West scares the ever-living crap out of me? I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. I'm yes. 22 years old and still cannot watch The Wizard of Oz. So, Rena, Rena, other than that, I would like to give you the um, Host of the Week Award for coming to work, even though you're, you know, you quite possibly... Jen, be nice! Every time you've almost died, we all shed tears. Now you're like, ha ha, death, meow! Actually, I, I probably didn't cry the last time. What was the last time? I can't remember. Thank you. I don't know. But the time before that, I probably did cry. I don't well, the, know was the last time the big one? I hope not, because I'm pretty sure I cried for that. When was the last time you domiciled, Jen? <laughs> I'm sorry. I think it's hilarious that that's like a legitimate question. It is. Okay. Do it. You are evil and you must be destroyed. They almost had to put a tube down my throat. Oh, Yikes. no. I breathe. Yeah. And what the I, hell are you doing here? I'm bored. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Believe me, if I had anything else to occupy my time, I would have elected not to to be here this week. That's like your motto for Brother Pick Weekly. If I had anything else going on, I swear to God, I wouldn't be here. Hello. See, where the hell are you? Um... Kansas. <laughs> you sound like you're podcasting from an aquarium. <laughs> like I'm podcasting from an aquarium? I think you're po- are Is there like a mic in your computer that you're using and not your headset? I don't think so. Hold on, let me make sure. Microphone. Are you on your regular computer? <laughs> yeah, how about now? Uh, no, you're actually in the dryer right now. <laughs> Chi, welcome to my dryer. Um, hmm. Well, crap. Because we can hear everything going on around you. Chi! Chi! You used 
some excuse about a slave-driving bastard who was keeping you working seven days a week without nights off. And I just f- think you're very much full of it if you expect me to believe something like that, which obviously has no semblance to reality whatsoever. I give you every second Monday off sometimes. <laughs> I go on vacation. He calls me every day. No, I'm, I'm like, gee, how are you? It's three in the morning. Just wanted to see how you like it. Now, there was a conductor of the train who was in charge right. of this entire operation. He was like the leader. He was the head honcho. Uh-huh. And yeah. he was apparently also the village idiot. Yeah. Did you model Not him after smart. anyone in particular? <laughs> Then you get to think about the impending horror of labor. Oh, it just keeps getting better. <laughs> it's okay. When the thing pops out, I'll be happier. Can we not refer to your onboard please? I had a very poor experience when I first tried to read With All My Love by Lady Chi. I went to the Potterfic Weekly schedule and clicked on the link and read the story. It wasn't until much later that I found out the link was wrong, and I'd read Living With Danger. Jen was working two jobs and supporting her family, and I think she had a hump at the time. It was this awful period in Jen's life. I'm like, Jen, you need to take time. You need to put yourself first. And she said, no, Ryan, I must do more. So I said, Jen, you're a Hufflepuff and you're fired. So I put on the forum that Jen was fired as deputy headmistress and I made her into a Hufflepuff as a joke, as a joke. I then left my computer, got in my car, drove three hours to New York, to, to Connecticut, near Julia's house. I got a train and I'm riding a train into New York City. All this time, Jen is pretending that she's really been fired and she's drumming up the sympathy vote about how that bastard Ryan fired me. All the foreign people are crying. They're, t- they're never going to come back. This is they're awful. Like, and then Mike. We all know Mike. We, oh, dear. We all know Mike. Mike decided to play along. Now, he knew it was a joke, but he decided to play along. And he tells everybody, guys, this isn't a joke. This is like the time Jen had cancer. This is deathly serious. And everyone's like, <laughs> so then I'll all, all I remember is walking through Grand Central Terminal, screaming into my cell phone, Fix this! Fix this! And I'm like, I'll fix it! And then Jen's making it into an even bigger joke, and then she, I came on the forum a day later, and everyone was a Star Wars character drunk off their ass. I have no idea what happened, but poor Mac returned that night. He, he was completely overshadowed, because Mike told everyone that Jen's cancer had returned as a ha-ha fun. I wouldn't talk to him for like three days. He's like, hi, Ryan. I'm like, girl. I missed the whole thing. Like, I came, I just came back after Shabbos, and all of a sudden, Mac was back, and Jen is a Hufflepuff, and I was like, what just happened? Uh, I missed the whole thing. Ren, are you still alive? I'm still here. I'm so excited to be doing this POU. Men's bodies are just not as attractive as women. Oh, go to hell. I'm kind of confused as where we're at. Welcome to Arctic Weekly. Now, explain to me why Jen finds women's butts. No, no, we're not going to stop. <laughs> I will explain the context. Jen and I are, we're playing World of Warcraft, and I have a level 70 human paladin male. I just got sick and tired of looking at a guy's butt the entire time. So I decided to make a female. And so I said, yeah, not so much that it's nice to look at a female's butt instead of a guy's butt. And then Jen's like, yeah, I like looking at female butts more too. <laughs> so what? Women are beautiful. Doesn't make me gay. I want to welcome Aaron to the podcast, Kronk on the forum. All you need to know about him is when I sent him a, a message asking if he would um, like to come off the forum for a night and join the podcast, his exact response was... <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the culmination of a lifelong, well, may not lifelong, but, you know, at least three or four days I've been dreaming of being on the podcast. <laughs> 
I was going to seriously worry for you if you actually had a lifelong dream to be on Potterfic Weekly. I don't even have a lifelong dream to be on Potterfic Weekly, but I still show up for work. I I feel like I can die happy now. Oh, well, Jen, go with that. Well, actually, no, don't go with that. That's a little disturbing. Uh, all right, let's just call her money a skanko. I think she called herself a skanko. She got pregnant no, on a boat. I'm not a skanko. Hey, you got impregnated on a boat. No, so- I didn't. <laughs> Whatever it takes. This is Perfect Weekly. Most of the people who we're talking to right now are Hufflepuffs. We love everybody. So we do. And I don't. You, you don't love everybody? Well, I kind of do. I, I'm confused with my... Well, I don't know. If anyone in this room is more likely to, you know, start opening fire, it's probably going to be you. Probably. You know, George Weasley, for example, is the Alice from the Brady Bunch character. <laughs> I have to tell you, in every scene, I picture him walking around in Alice's little blue maid outfit with the th- like that with his hair up in the bun. That's all I can picture. Mrs. Brady... I was going to say, George does have a cool, you know, normal job. He gets to, he gets to be a right. test pilot. Yeah. I picture him doing that from, like, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., and the rest of the day is working on the pot roast. In the middle of a scene, George arrived with a giant frozen turkey. I'm like, well, you go, George. Do you need to get He's that He's like turkey. Rachel Ray. <laughs> he really is. Yeah, and Martha Stewart. <laughs> I know. I love it. It's a good thing. I'm sorry. Now I'm stuck on the Martha Stewart where he's, like, decorating everything in pastels. You know? <laughs> and he but, wears little aprons. <laughs> but seriously, I've been humming the Brady Bunch theme song. It cracks me up. He's so domesticated. I just, and it's the only thing I can imagine where where you actually want to eat food that George has created. They literally live in like Hogwarts. This is this huge mansion mm-hmm. of a place, and it's like it cracks. Like just the descriptions. It's like Hermione's bedroom was one of the larger in the house. She was in the north wing. <laughs> They're golfing in the middle of the house, and it's like yeah. ballroom B. And it's where the hell are these people living? Then there's the scene where Justin's, you know, mowing the lower forty. My first reaction is, oh, they live in the big house. Then the next scene is Hermione walked through the indoor winter garden on her way to the east wing. I'm like, where the hell do these people live? Ginny was going to move in with them, but she found herself a nice flat in London. I'm like, she could have had a whole wing. She does have her own room in the house, though. Everyone has their own room. Even Ron, who's dead, has a room in the house. He has a really nice room with a really large bathtub. And seriously, it's like they have the book room. Picture you had 412 rooms in your house. Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to keep plastic cans in this room, and we're going to keep aluminum cans in that room. And if we run out of room in both of these rooms, we can use storage area 3C in wing 4. Like, you need a map to walk around this house. I don't mean to stress on the house, but every time they brought up the fact that Hermione had to leave for work and it took her eight hours to reach the front door, I got a little pissed. Because I was, like, spent my entire year, like, crunched up in a small apartment. So I was a little irritated by that. Obviously, they all couldn't be crammed into a small apartment because that would have put a whole new spin on the Harry Hermione sex scene. It would be like the scene from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where there's, like, you know, four people to a bed, like, face, like, each of feet. <laughs> Well, basically, it would be Laura and George sitting there with the popcorn. Jen actually got kicked off the line. Jen's coming back in now. I thought she was mad at me. That's why I stopped talking about the house. As it turns out, Jen wasn't even here. Let's see what Jen's thoughts are. All you missed was I was joking. If they lived in the small apartment, it would be like the bed from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Two couples feet to feet, and while Harry and Hermione were going at it, you would have had Laura and George on the other side eating popcorn watching. That might have been really good. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can I just say this? Jen is a natural exhibitionist. Anytime she's got her binoculars and she is watching you. That's so sick. It's so true. And after the end, everybody goes and stays with Remus, so you've got everybody in the same house again. If you don't have them like that, then you've got to you know, force them together some other way, because otherwise they're just sitting in their houses by themselves, yeah, twiddling their thumbs. Yeah, that's a very good point. The only comparison I would draw is the difference between you know Lupin Lodge and Wayne Manor. Wayne Manor burned yeah. down, man. Thanks for spoiling the ending, Chen. I watched Batman <laughs> in the 60s. The one where Batman would punch someone and they would punch right pow across the screen. <laughs> I love that show. I love the penguin. He was so round. I like Robin. Robin? Well, Robin was a little, well, basically. Holy Merlin magician. I love the way they had Justin have lunch with Hermione. He's like, you know, I do play for the other team. That woman reads a great deal of fan fiction. I just want to <laughs> you to meet your thing, yeah. There's no way she didn't read fan fiction before Deathly Hollow. It took her like four and a half years to put out Order of the Phoenix, because she had to be doing something in all that time. She wasn't writing. She just anything. reads fan fiction. She just reads fan fiction. There's a scene early in this chapter where the entire household is sitting down for dinner. They're in dining room four. I remember that. I think it's dining room five. What's the, no, dining room four was closed. No, they're not numbered. They're lettered. It's it was, G. Okay. It's dining room <laughs> No, why? No, why? You're right because because they were on deck six. You're right. They're, yes, they're, exactly. They're, they're, they're rear. They're, they're right. They're directly next to the spring arboretum. You're correct. <laughs> they're, they actually have the winter garden or whatever. I don't know what that means. So they're at the dining room table, and you know George wearing his you know short blue dress is cutting the meats, and you know he's serving everybody, and he, he has to get the laundry, and then he has to pick the kids up, and, and he goes. They mention the fact that Hermione has a date. And she gets a little nervous, and she tries to get them off it, and they make neener, neener, neener jokes because they're all 15 years old. And then she mentions the fact that she is dating a very nice man, and they make fun of her again. And she's like, what do you have against Gerald? I'm listening to this in my car. There's nothing wrong with that name. George is like, Gerald, Gerald. Gerald. And she says, what is wrong with Gerald? Now, playing for the other team, Justin, responds to with the following line. Nothing unless you don't like getting picked last for football. At that point, I laughed. At that point, I swerved. At that point, I popped a tire, drove a mile on a flat, had to pay $114 for a new tire, had to walk to work in 90-degree weather, all because of fan fiction. They're like, how young is he really? And, and she's like, he'll be 22. They waited in 15 months. <laughs> and they're like, cuckoo, cuckoo. I think it's kind of sad that everybody likes Cho, but they don't like her behind her back. <laughs> I'm a little concerned about Cho's feelings here. They're at the front gate near the secondary guard tower. Like, picture where I am on the ground. <laughs> and they all have their arms behind each other. Like, it's like the little house in the prairie, and he's going off to the big city. Bye, Cho! We'll miss you! And she go- okay, good, the bitch is gone. Let's run back in the house. Let's run back in the house and that's it. And so. I've, never seen, I've never seen people be as excited about wallpaper stripping as these people. <laughs> have you noticed, like, all the creative things that they come up to do because they don't have a TV? I'm like, why? <laughs> 
No, they have TV, they have cars. They're all in the starboard living room, and they're just sitting there, and they're talking about the day, and all of a sudden, Justin runs in. You're never going to believe it. I found a whole new tower to the house. They have 17 new rooms, and they get to, they get to put wallpaper up in them. And Hermione's like, I, I can put all my recycling in this room. And you look up, and it's like the east room of the White House. Like, it's just, it's enormous. Like, I don't know. Well, I like that Hermione's room is oval-shaped. Like, she has the oval office as her bedroom. <laughs> I know it's great. In the scene at the end, where they go into one of the many studies in the house to work on the astronomy lesson to find Harry. It's like Hermione walks in and she sits down behind this large mahogany desk and then Cho comes in and sits down at her desk. I'm like, what, they have like eight desks? Like, you just cracked me up. It's, there's cubicles. They've got a water bottle and uh, a coffee machine and there's a paper shredder. You know what the sad thing is going to be? for anyone who actually has yet to read this story but happens to be listening to this podcast I feel so sorry for them they're going to go into this like this story is all about a house because it's just absolutely crazy we're not talking about our pipes tonight but my question is what does a professional Quidditch player need with a large mahogany desk obviously to answer her fan mail I don't know here's another question what does a witch or wizard need with a Mercedes she has to visit her parents somehow it's a little awkward to ride her broom from the ministry she like jumps out the window. Well, she's on the 42nd floor, and she's like, Hey, Stella! She's like, Stella, I'll be back, and she jumps out the 42nd story. And then I'm like, that doesn't seem right. Like, Hermione has a fear of heights. But Laura is very exotic looking. She's Australian. She's Australian. She is a tribal warrior. <laughs> she's a, I'm sorry, a trial lawyer? Tribal <laughs> <Rival> lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Harry is a unique choice for a spy. It's kind of like if Bill Clinton became a spy. I love the fact that in the beginning, Cho knows. And then Hermione knows. Then Hermione's like, well, I guess it couldn't hurt, so she tells Justin. (laughs) And then they tell the whole house. And it gets to the point, like, later on, when Harry looks to Sari and says, why didn't you come to me? Like, why didn't you find me? And I could have helped you. And Sari, (laughs) I was waiting for the line where Sari's like, I thought you were unemployed. Like, (laughs) by the end of this, everyone and their brother knows he's a spy, except Neville, who's the detective, which was unfortunate. He's obviously not very good at what he does. Okay, Harry obviously knew that he has this ability to, like, you know, put himself into a forced coma to prevent himself from being overlooked. he doesn't tell anybody. He doesn't tell anyone but Hermione. You would think he would have, like, a note in his wallet. If I'm dead, (laughs) call Hermione Granger. 555-381. And it, like, rings her cell phone in the Mercedes, and she can come over and check it. Before you cremate me, call 555-381. have those diabetes wedding bracelets. He's like, sometimes I pretend to be <laughs> in Voldemort reads it, and he's like, oh, really? Like, I think the only reason Hermione figures it out is they send, like, old scary guy from Back to the Future who, like, delivers the note from Doc Brown. And he's like, the scary dude. They're like, you're not the pizza delivery driver. He's I, like, I have a leather. She's examining him, right? Yep. And she's, like, looking at his, you know, moles and his ear. And then she's like, well, we made it so that no one, unless they were trained to look for it, could find it. But it doesn't ever tell what she found. She found his head. Could you imagine if know. she like looked down his pants and she's like just checking. This has absolutely nothing to do with it. it has absolutely nothing. Just making sure everything's going well. It's not like if you're captured you can put yourself to sleep. It's like literally having a circuit breaker. You know, it pops out in the event of you know imminent death. Would you really want it to be that much of a secret that you're still alive in the event they bury you? Well, she even says like you 
wake up in a coffin. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. When he passes out the second time and she comes back from her date with Gerald, the encyclopedia salesman, the, the good news is they didn't bury him under the large oak tree in the backyard. I just like that her dress is like this big purple. It's Dumbledore's pimp suit from Half-Blood Prince. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and Justin's like, you look fabulous. So I mean, <laughs> Harry notices. He's like, what am I feeling? <laughs> then he looks down at his crotch. He's like, what is this? <laughs> Sorry, that was inappropriate. I apologize. I'm good for one erection joke every podcast. She doesn't Mm-mm. obviously know until she gets to, to the hospital that Harry is, in fact, still alive. You know, please cancel the cremation. She probably doesn't get that, like, when, you know, he could have fallen out of her office window. He went to visit her, and he tripped over the deli platter <laughs> and fell off the 43rd floor and died. I mean, she doesn't know yeah. he's, in, he's in a coma. So it's like, you know, you get the note, and she's, she's reading the note. She's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. And everyone's like, well, well, what is it? She's like, oh, Harry's dead. She crumbles it up. and It's literally a red, like, oh, crap, Harry died. Could you imagine, Hermione, she gets the note that says Harry's dead, and she's like, oh, crap, I lo- Ron's dead, Harry, everyone's dead, I have this entire house, no one to help me vacuum. So she heads down to the hospital, she's in the Mercedes on the way over, and she thinks to herself, you know what, I bet he's in a coma, we knew this could happen, I'll snap him off, and you get there, and they, like, cremated him, or they did an autopsy, you're like, oh, shit. I was afraid that they were going to have him, like, with his chest all nasty and open. Jam was afraid it would ruin any potential sex scene. I think think of Gerald, because he reminded me of someone who had too much plastic surgery. Like, shiny. (laughs) I don't care what description Laurie put in there. He's George Costanza, but he seems like this little dweeby guy. He's sitting in one chair, and Harry's sitting in the other chair, and he's sitting there like, he's looking all around the room, trying not to make eye contact with Harry. And then Harry's, like, glaring at him with an evil look in his face, like, I will kill you with my eyes. Well, he was trying to get Harry's like okay with everything and Harry was like I'm not her father I don't care who she dates <laughs> he glares at him for like five years and then they're driving in the Mercedes and, Her- and Gerald's like looking in the rearview mirror do you see that jeep behind us I guess don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> you hear the dun 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 <laughs> don't mind him he's a train spy he's riding their bumper the whole way into town <laughs> Well, have we talked about the swing dancing yet? We have to talk. My favorite line ever is George looking up at Harry and going, Potter, it's Harry Potter. So these these are my notes from that part of the section. Laura and Justin swing dance like they're having grand mall seizures. <laughs> no, they don't. They are just a little... That is a line from the fic, Jennifer. Stop yes, it defending is. it. I think that they're cute, that they try. So my next thought was the house has a goddamn ballroom in it now. Hermione and Harry took up swing dancing because Hermione has student loans and Harry's money was tied up in CDs. Like, he's filthy rich. He has the biggest galleon in Gringotts, but he absolutely has no money because it was all tied up in in investments. So during his and Hermione's lean years when they didn't have a lot of free cash before they bought Wayne Manor, they swing danced a lot. Like, hmm. They danced at a place where everyone knew their name. To which I said, WTF, it's Cheers. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. 
eight paragraphs later, they're entering competitions. Oh, God, there's a box of trophies. Oh, God, they're in a music video. <laughs> oh, God, she's wearing swing dancing shoes. Yes. I don't know there was swing dancing shoes. Apparently there is. You know, I'm picturing Harry and Hermione swing dancing, and as they swing dance, they look into each other's eyes, and Harry will see something there he never saw before, and she'll forget that there's anyone else in the room, and they'll tear each other's clothes off. I was so afraid that was going to happen. If they fell in love dancing, I'd open a vein. I think I may have. <laughs> that is absolutely accurate. I did write that. I will sign my name to that. So George goes to America with Fred. Fred returns and says, and I quote, George disappeared in front of my very eyes. Okay, the only way you could have gone back that quickly was to apparate. So you apparate from America to England to say in a very dramatic fashion, you just saw somebody disappear before your very eyes. Does that seem odd to anyone else but me? There's a difference between like, all right, I'm leaving, I want to stand still and apparate compared to I'm in the middle of a conversation talking and walking with you and all of a sudden, pop, I'm gone. It had to be something that when George disappeared that Fred would have had to say, hey, this isn't normal. And hey, I need to go see the bunch of people who live in the Ballycrofts because they obviously can help me. They memory charm Fred. Fred. Why? Fred yeah. appears. George has been kidnapped. And then George walks in. Hey, everybody. And you're like, okay, what the hell's going on? And Fred's like, George, you're alive. Hug. And George looks at Justin. Justin walks over and, like, tasers Fred. And he's, like, on the ground. And he's, like, you know, it's like he's spasming. And he's, like, burping on the carpet. And they, and they wake him up. And he's like, Oh, I, I need to get going. I, I don't know why I'm here. George gets in and he leaves. And there's no explanation for why they shot Fred in the middle of the kitchen. By like George just looking at him, Justin has de- uh, deducted that George wants him to memory charm him. Yeah, it's not like he's saying, "Can you make him a cup of coffee?" <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it's like take him out now. It's like what? Like how did how did Justin know just to randomly memory charm him? It's like George come on. Like, doing, like, the death throat. Simple. It brings up some sinister questions. Do George and Justin go out and just, you know, do stuff and then have to memory charm people all the time? Can you repeat the first half of that sentence for me? It, it, it brings up a lot of sinister possibilities. I mean, George and Justin go out on night of town with a couple of dates. And they're like, oh, they do something, and then George gives Justin a look. He's like, memory charm. <laughs> They can be very sinister. Everyone talks about how such a good cook George yeah, I was is. Yeah, th- I was thinking along the same <laughs> like, well, It's like, a memory charm to think that. Yeah, like that's what I was just thinking. I was like, maybe he's just... He's the worst guy in the world. Like, every, every, <laughs> everywhere. Uh, I was just thinking because like, everyone's sitting at the dinner table. So the, everyone's like, man, it's so, so bad food. And then like George just kind of looks over at Justin and, and gives him a quote-unquote... <laughs> Significant look, and then that's the code. Every time I glare at you, I need to perform a memory charm on everyone in the room. <laughs> well, no, then the scene when Hermione is talking to Sorry, and Sorry even makes a reference to the fact I have to put a lot of memory char- charms on people. I'm like, I know what Justin does. For <laughs> Sorry, must know Justin. <laughs> 
like, what if George is like just looking at Justin and Justin? <laughs> They're like, Justin has a pimple, and George glares at it. Justin shoots him. He just great terms of random people around him. Funny. Justin always complains that he can't be like he's not like a real memory, you know, changer. Like he's like the junior guy in the department, and he's pissed, so he just goes around shooting everybody. Really charming everyone just to, to prove himself to his boss that he could really be on the memory charm hit squad <laughs> let's say a random bubble just gets into a random altercation with you then i think that using magic would be wrong because you would be exposing that muggle to the fact that they're hey there's magic and hey i'm a wizard allegra who's a witch hiring these goons that doesn't make sense to me like if they know about magic i think then you should be allowed to use magic on them maybe the muggle didn't know but he's in hogsmeade isn't he yeah he's in hogsmeade yeah, so he had to have known about... Well, you know what the thing is? It's not like Harry doesn't know anyone who can do memory charms or is looking for any reason to do memory charms. <laughs> like, like, bring him back to the house and then, like, glare at Justin. <laughs> like, like problem solved. Exactly. It's like they have to Care Bear stare at Justin. <laughs> it's the memory charm stare. Oh, Justin. Well, no offense, I hate to say this, but, like, you know, I'm picturing Justin at, like, gay clubs, like, trying to meet men, and, like, someone's glaring at him, he shoots him in the head, and Justin can't figure out why he's never going on dates. Maybe it's like a post-hypnotic suggestion every time he receives us. He just forget glances. Kind of memory charms. I'm glad that we have successfully made Justin to the biggest pervert. Speaking of perverts, I'm just kidding. We'll get to that in a moment. There's the scenes where Harry's like, what is wrong? And he looks at down at his crotch for a second. He's like, what is happening to me? You know, Harry's like, why am I so jealous? And then he realizes he's been glaring at Gerald in the living room for like 10 minutes. And poor Justin must walk by and say, oh, God, Harry's glaring. Does he need a memory charm? And like, <laughs> until the kiss, it doesn't really become a Harry Hermione fic. And I even wrote in my notes, okay, it's a Harry Hermione fic now. They're kissing. And I'm like, oh, they're only going to kiss. They're going to take it slow. And unfortunately, you know, for that theory, yeah. that Harry picks her up. And this is where Jen started having a wet dream. Let's just recap this. You know, you kiss the girl that you've been friends with all your life. And you pick her up and you carry her to the bedroom. And three hours go by. Three hours, two hours. Yeah, slept for an hour and a half and then tried again. Three hours. It's like a break for Chinese food in the middle count. Like, I mean, maybe Harry was having trouble. So finally it happens. And, like, by the time it finally happened, I was going, yay! Hey, let's play some tonsil hockey. If which you is three what? hours, it's going to go well beyond tonsil hockey. Oh, shit. We just did something that would classify as being more than friends. We yeah. might as well have sex now. Might as well have sex, yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm sitting there and I'm rolling my eyes. And I'm like, oh my God, it's like Care Bear Stare. I love you, 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 I love you. And Jen's like, ooh, wet dream. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm smashing my head into my desk. And Harry and Hermione have three hours of like wild monkey sex. And then they have, you know, a brief conversation about all of their, about all the people they've ever slept with. I am really tickled pink about the fact that Hermione's first time was with a guy named Horace. I just thought that it, was, it, it was Ron. Well, it was, it was Ron first, and then it was Horace. Is this very normal for the first after-sex talk? Is this normal? Um, do you usually, do people usually talk really? about sexual experiences after they have sex? Well, do you? No. Um, just, well, I just thought I'd get a baseline, you know. <laughs> she said penis. Her first time with Ron was like hours before he died. And all I could picture is, ooh, that couldn't have gone well. It wasn't like, 
Mike, I know you're dying, so let's do it now. Yes. I mean, it wasn't that kind of... It was coincidental. It's like, last, yeah, it was coincidental sex. That must have hurt her self-esteem. It's like, you know, like all, all you can say about that day is, like, Ron had sex with her, and then you turn himself over to Voldemort. Like, oh, oh but, he got kidnapped. I agree. No, he, he was true. Whatever. In fairness, he, he was true. That's perfect. He was yeah. And then Harry, you know, had sex with a woman, and she became a Death Eater, and that was awkward as well. So they found each other. But, okay, so they have wild monkey sex for three hours. And then they, they spoon, and they talk with all the people they've ever slept with. And then Hermione's like, ooh, you want to go again? And I'm picturing everyone out on, I believe they're in Astronomy Tower B. Aren't they on the upper level of the gazebo on the, on the west side? Yeah, I was going to say, I think they're in the gazebo outside. They're, staring at the they're outside looking at the stars. So Harry and Hermione are at it again. And everyone else is outside on the grounds, and, and you know, Laura's complaining because she was almost blown up earlier that day, and, you know, and Hermione hasn't stopped by to check on me. Does anyone know where she is? And they hear moaning, and George is like, it's coming from the house. It sounds like someone's in pain. I, like, I, think someone, I, I think someone's in trouble. Then you hear the moaning some more. Intentions, and, and, and they're like, I think Harry hired the prostitute. We don't recognize. Like, I think he's having sex. And Laura's like, I almost got blown up today. That's a little callous. Then you hear Hermione screaming Harry's name in the midst of her of like a five minute no, orgasm. No, we do not. Yes, you, you do not. Yes, you do. Here. Yes, you do. And George You're is like, me. and Laura's like, but with an Australian accent. And they go down the line. And everyone's like, and then you hear like literally a page and a half later, you hear Justin. I think they're having sex. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, does anybody else hear Keza when they're reading Laura now? Because I I, I hadn't read this yeah. in a while, and I, I whenever I read Laura, I, I hear it in Keza's voice. It's funny. Hi, welcome back to Pamcast, and I'm Keza. Don't mock me. Ryan doesn't talk to me. That's Everyone not true. He does. Oh, God, now I'm going to do that. Thank you for loading me up with that. And, and then they're like, let's fly up and watch. And I'm like, you're sex offenders. Every single one of you are sex offenders. And you're going to have to register for like 30 years. And they all hop in their brooms and they fly up. And luckily, they're spooning because they've just had sex nine times and they're a little sleepy. But I mean, didn't you ever have a childhood girlfriend who, you know, you really liked and then you ended up going out with her best friend? Not particularly. No. No. Not that particular experience, no. No. No, I was just a whore. I don't know. <laughs> <Jen>. <laughs> if the movies were canon, I'd be a total harmonium. Yeah. Well, Definitely. Definitely. Oh, especially after especially after Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, I like the movie, so. And Goblin mm-hmm. of Fire. <laughs> Basically, if you've seen any of the movies, any scenes, anything will do. That's so not true. In Prisoner of Azkaban, Hermione grabs Ron's arm and he looks shifty. They were. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Justin walks out for performs a memory jam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be able to watch Chamber of Secrets ever again because of you people. I wonder if that kid ever knew that, because by then it had been well established in the fandom or within the fanon, if you will, that he was gay. I wonder if that kid had any clue that, like, the perceptions of that character at that point in time. I remember thinking movie, he, had a, he had a very strong chin. He looked like Leno. That's all I remember. But I also think maybe it has to do with the fact that Emma Watson is just so much prettier than Bonnie Wright. Yeah. I don't think so. Emma Watson's eyebrows just annoy the crap out of me in a deal. No, Emma, Bonnie is not that attractive. No, that's not fair. I mean, Bonnie, no. That I mean, is not not fair. It is she not, just, not, 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 not fair. She looks <laughs> 
10. Like, she doesn't look. In the second movie, she was 10. <laughs> I've, I've got to agree with Jen on this one, although, you know. Yeah, I agree. I have really I'll good faith in women, Ryan. I do. <laughs> and Harry, you know, goes off to work in the morning, and he kisses Hermione goodbye. And Hermione opens the note. It's a very thick note. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, shit. And she opens the note. Dear Hermione, I enjoyed our... Basically, within the first sentence, Dear Hermione, I've decided to leave you and go off into people to more I than know. Later. Okay, he got his booty, and now he's out of there. Like, what the heck, Gary? What the heck? Booty call Hermione. And, you know, Hermione's reading the note. I remember thinking to myself, you know what? We all knew he was going to do it anyway. At least he says he might come back. You love that house. There's no line about the house that doesn't include the fact that, you know, the dining room table could fit 72 comfortably. It's like, oh, shut up. It's 651 bedroom. <laughs> exactly. But I love the fact that, you know, she gets the note saying, I'm leaving you. I must defeat Voldemort or you will be killed because only I can prevent forest fires and I will come back for you. <laughs> Maybe. If I don't die, and if I die, remember the booty call, and no, I will love you always, like Ron did, who also died. No, I and, and Hermione, if you if you find that you miss me, go to the kitchen with Justin and glare at him, and soon your pain will be gone. <laughs> As will I, for I must leave. And Hermione reads the note, and she and she calls a family meeting, and Cho stops by, and Hermione's like, "Hey, Cho, good to see you. I had sex with Harry." <laughs> and calls the family meeting. And Hermione's like, we all knew this would happen, and we must let him do what he will. And by the way, I tagged him like he's a whale when we released it to the water. I get track him. Like, it just cried. I like the fact that Hermione's like, okay, you know what? If you're going to leave, that's fine. And she, like, puts, like, one of those things, like, on your shirt when it's at the gap that they have to remove with the register. And she sends him on his new <laughs> So Harry's driving away with his ma- with his GPS system looking for Voldemort, and he looks behind him, and there's a Mercedes riding his ass. Dear Voldemort's lieutenant, I'm Hermione Granger. I hear you're secretly bad. Please advise. <laughs> <laughs> Very truly yours, Hermione Granger. And then my question was, I'm still driving to work, you know, in my car. There's sparks shooting out of my car because I only have three tires because of the because of the earlier scene. And I'm driving home, and I'm thinking, okay, they they must have apparition because Fred seemed very concerned about George vanishing into thin air. And then, unfortunately, he was tasered, so he forgot all about it. And then Hermione says, I'll meet you with the three broomsticks. I'm like, oh, well, she can just, you know, there is apparition. She can just apparate in to the three broomsticks. They call Stella. She's like, Dr. Granger called in sick to work today. And I'm like, well, is she on the Hogwarts Express? Like, I couldn't visualize how the why it took her an entire work day to get to Hogsmeade. Or she could flu, or she could port key. I mean, well, she, or she jumps out of her 43rd story office on her broom and just flies there. Like, I couldn't, like, her, like, I can imagine the descriptive line now, the door to the three broomsticks open. Hermione walks in, her hair was plastered behind her, like, she had her head out the car window all with her. But, I th- it, and then she immediately gets there, and Sari walks in, he's like, What can I, I do with their broom? Is there, like, a broom check-in? No, they have a, a giant, sh- they have a giant like a shed. Space. There's a giant shed outside oh. of the ministry, and I'm like, they're going to steal your broom. <laughs> There's going to be clean sweeps. It's the honor system in the wizarding world, it, well, there's only 30 people, so you can just check everyone's house for your missing broom. I mean, it's not like they hire Death Eaters. But like, seriously, let's think about Hermione here. So Hermione finds out that Sari is the embodiment of evil, and everyone she speaks to, oh, do you know that guy Sari? Oh, he's a Death 
you. You gotta watch. Yeah, I've heard him. of him. Yeah, and she's yeah. Like, he a racist, definitely black. <laughs> and then, then we're all thinking, and and then, everyone, then she's like, well, maybe I should meet him for coffee and ask him. Because even though, <laughs> are you evil? Like Ron says, <laughs> like, like Harry, Harry says no. he's the embodiment of evil, and they ask, and then, then she's like, Harry, why don't you go into it? I can't, I can't disclose my cover. To which case, you know, the newspaper boy walks by and says, "Hey, Harry." Well, he's like, oh, "It's fine." In dude. chapter one, Harry has like these glowing neon radioactive eyes that glow in the dark. <laughs> so, I mean, Hermione should be a little bit. I mean, if that freaked her out. <laughs> Exactly. It's like, my only thought is, Harry is the spy who thinks he's a good spy, but he's like Maxwell smart, and everyone knows he's a spy. Sorry about that, Chief. So, he's like, I, I can't I can't even approach Sorry. It might let on that we're on to him, and we have to prevent that, you know, at the cost of our lives. And then Hermione sits down, Dear Sorry, my name is Hermione Granger. And then she meets him at the Three Broomsticks, and the only reason she picks the Three Broomsticks is, it's a well pop it's like when you meet a guy online you meet at the food court <laughs> so she gets there and he walks in and says can we have this conversation in the dark alley outside but and my thing is she goes with sorry i'm like how are you not dead that's stupid would you like some candy little girl yes please <laughs> And they just had this very plutonic. Oops. And they had yes, this. Hermione very... was a little cartoon dog. <laughs> I was damn close on that one. And Gerald's down in his, you know, apartment. How did he get Hermione? Like, did he just hang on to Hermione from last month's visit on the off chance? Wait, wait. What did I say? What did I just say a minute ago? I'm all confused. Oh, for the love of God. Can I tell you, some people listen to the podcast without reading the fic because they just find us hysterical. They're going to have no effing idea what's going on. Apparently, he couldn't just send the bubble. That apparently would be it's a brief. It's a bobble bubble. I thought it was a bubble. It's a bobble bubble. It's a bobble bubble? Bobble. Bobble? Bobble. I thought it was a bubble. Bobble bubble. Is it a bobble or is it a bubble? It's a bobble. It's a bobble bubble. It's a bobble bubble. It's not a bubble. It's a bobble. All right, Jen, thanks for playing. A lot of Ron and Hermione's relationship is about arguing, and if it's not just them, you know, it's not just foreplay for their relationship. If they're just, you know, they just don't, they don't get along all the time, then you know that can be that can poison a relationship a lot. And, Maybe uh, sex just wasn't as good. He died hours later, so. <laughs> and then on the ten-year anniversary, they went back and had sex. No, I'm talking about if Ron we're not, had lived. not there yet. You know what I think? I think they should go back every year and have sex on the spot of Ron's. That would be very nice. I know. It was was very angry. This is my prediction about what happened here. I think that George gave, you know, Justin a significant glance, and he memory charmed Harry. Then he gave Justin a memory, uh, you know, a significant glance, and he memory charmed Ginny. And then he gave... (laughs) Justin, a third significant glance, and Justin didn't stop and turn. He didn't do a memory charm. He just kept staring at George, and George is like, what's going on? So he he intensified the significant glance, and Justin intensified the significant glance back, and all of a sudden in the background you hear, Turn around, every now and then I get a little bit lonely, and you're never coming around. And the and a romance was born. Exactly. That's what I think happened there. Well, how many wizards know how to drive a Jeep? 
Everyone, George was killed in a car accident. <laughs> Gerald. Uh, Gerald. George, Gerald. George is still alive, cooking frozen soup. George has no time to drive a car. He has to cook all the time. <laughs> Staring at Justin's pecs all morning. Every now and then I get a little bit tired of listening to the sound of my tears. My husband just came up to tell me this. I'm like part of the crowd now because there's apparently a severe thunderstorm warning heading our oh, no. way. I thought he was joking because he likes to pull my leg. And so I look up the Bureau, of, Bureau of Meteorology, the weather people, and there is a severe weather warning for damaging winds and we've been advised to stay indoors away from the windows. <laughs> but I'm just like, I'm a real Pufflanian now. I'm podcasting and it's about to play the weather. <laughs> I heard thunder. Oh, God. Kezzy. Oh, no. Are you like in front of the window? <laughs> no. If there's lightning, you should turn off your computer. I'm um, all right. <laughs> Kenzo doesn't want to be left out. <laughs> I'll risk. I'm a harm. I'm a harmonian. I'll risk it. <laughs> Kenzo, <laughs> not I a can live on the edge now. <laughs> <laughs> if we have your funeral episode next week, I'm going to be very. Upset. Oh, that would be very bad. Is it wrong that the first thing I saw when we heard Kaz's funeral next week was that who's going to finish rebuilding life? You're worried about the fate of my fig. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kaz. <laughs> I'll send Mr. Kenzer an email. Deeply sorry about your loss. Your late wife was working on two of my podcasts. Are you able to send me her work? She And they're like, he's moving, and then they lose him. And Humboldt says, can't he stay in one bloody place for more than an hour? And I'm all I can think of is, hello, three hours. I'd be be thrilled. At least he's not having sex. Thank God he's loyal. You'd be worried if he stayed in one place for three hours. Like like if it was like the Marauder's Map and the dot was fixated and it kept bouncing up and down. I changed my GPS to this British dude. It used to say, turn left to get on the highway or freeway. And now it says, please turn left to get on the motorway. And I was like, what the hell? I'm looking around. Like, I'm looking at my beard speed trap. Like, I don't know what the motorway is. My text reader, it, like, the old one would just be like, Barry went to the store. It's very monotone, but it's very consistent. The new one, it would like, talk really fast, and then talk really slow. Talk really fast. And it, it has, like, human breath, so it, it, it's, like, panting. Is it Because I had to get, I, I didn't have that much time to listen, so I really, I'm like, be, like, do it on overdrive, dude. It's like, argh. <laughs> it's going through it. And there would be really awkward pauses until I got it aligned right. I hear the following. This is what my text reader says. Harry was dispirited. Hermione wanted to touch him. Well, I guess he's no longer dispirited. Harry's a uh, guilt whore. I mean, that's... He wouldn't be Harry. She doesn't talk a lot, everybody, but when she does, it's <laughs> damn good. guilt whore. I think I'm um, rebelling against the word sidekick. I just think sounds awful. I know. He's not well, Robin and tights. <laughs> yeah, it makes him sound like Robert. Dadgummit, he's not Robin. Because I was starting to get this suspicion at this point that Ron is actually alive because they kept making such a big deal about how Ron was dead. And I'm like, he's got to be alive. So I'm like, he's going to come. He's going to be there. He's going to be in the inner circle this whole time that he's actually there. And he's going to, like, throw off his Slytherin cape. And <laughs> 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 Let me get this straight. Hermione gets the note in the earlier chapters from last week. She gets the note and she opens it. And it's right at the end of the scene. And she's like, oh, crap, Harry's dead. She rips the, and she's like, oh, damn it, we had theater tickets. 
my night is ruined. <laughs> and so this implies to me, this isn't the first time you've gotten a call that someone's dead and they really haven't been. Harry, not really dead. He's only sleeping. Okay, so that's over and done. Now, in this scene, you have fake Hermione, a second fake death. Hey. And then we have, we found Harry and there's a dead body and she's like checking every square inch of it, you know, mainly just for fun. And she's like, this is not Harry. This is a, this is another fake body. And they throw it in the fake body pile over the corner. <laughs> which, is, then, which is like up to the ceiling now. And then they're like, and Draco Malfoy died and he was never seen again. And they're like, okay, not so much. He, look, he's alive. It's a miracle. So I'm really thinking Ron might be kicking because every time else they've predicted death, they've been wrong. So why should I believe them now? Well, but no, that's my Ron theory. But then it just threw me out because Quinn and Hermione can hear this scream and it was the sound of absolute suffering. And I'm just starting quoting the princess <laughs> right in my head. <laughs> my heart beats out. <laughs> Right. She keeps throwing out this stuff. It's all emotional. I'm getting in the story, and I'm like, oh, that makes he's Batman. Oh, he's Superman. <laughs> and I keep... <laughs> later on, there's a part where Harry's flying with Hermione, and I'm like, oh, they're Superman and Lois Lane. Mike went to see Batman, and he told me that he thought the Joker was a, was a great character. And he's, Who played the Joker? I'm like, uh, that would be Heath Ledger. Oh. Heath Ledger played the Joker. He says, oh, is he coming back for the next one? I'm like, oh. <laughs> No. Way to be out of touch, Mike. Mike <laughs> lives, we love Mike. He just lives in a bobble. Harry's having a bad day. So basically, he, it's the da, 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 da scene, and you know everyone's fighting, and it's like Batman where he punches someone and it actually says pow across the screen. <laughs> then he punches someone else and it says bath mat. Like, just like it's just random. But, but, uh, it's great, like, winter but then there's the scene where all the, the circle members are like, and they charge and they all jump on Harry. And all of a sudden, you see them like pulsate like something from the middle is like they're all like bouncing up and all of a sudden Harry comes blasting through and he's floating and he's got a red cape and uh and he's fluorescent and Hermione's like Hermione's like mighty mouse theme he's got the glasses going on he can just whip them off jump in a phone box super Harry like that she said phone box I love listening to Keza speak. It's just so cute. I know. I love phone. I love that. I've never even thought about that, but that's what it exactly is. Well, what did I say? You said a phone, said a phone box. Did someone just get hit by a bus? That is this favorite thing in HG Fix, and it annoys me because everyone keeps going on about how Ginny saw him. She was 10, for crying out loud. She was falling romantically in love with this lost little kid. He's you know, skinny with glass and stuff. And they always talk about how it's so wonderful and she met him on the platform and she fell in love with him then because he looks so lost. And I'm like, I don't fall in love at 10 with kids who look no. lost. You know, I'm <laughs> thinking, you look weird, dude. I love these chapters so much, I put away my iPod and I read. Because I can oh. read faster. Wow, read that's faster. like a first, Ryan. That's this a real compliment the, there, yeah. Can I say this? This is the first time I've actually read fan fiction on Polarific Week. <laughs> That is ridiculous. And I was getting pissed off. This is Harry and his 50 Asians. He loveth them. I'm like, oh, God. It's like a Chinese person. <laughs> now, Draco Malfoy is Gerald. Now, Hermione's like, ugh. And Harry's like, I'm very upset with this Draco. I'm very, very, very upset. He's a good person on the good side. I feel like he raped Hermione. Why should I not feel that way? You know what I did? I was reading it, and I've come out that Gerald was Draco, and I actually physically said in the middle of reading it, I went, oh, oh, oh. I had a 
physical reaction to this idea that Hermione had been sleeping with Draco. For well, us. my first reaction was, yay, my first Draco Hermione pick. And then she found out it was Draco, and her reaction was like, ugh. I think really that Harry, as a wizard and as a friend, would have done, like, background checks on all her dates. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> you know, you would think. He probably did. He came back as a very nice encyclopedia <laughs> <Dead> salesman. <laughs> I'm sure Harry has done the same stuff in his spy work. What was that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, where he has True his Moscow, like, be a prostitute? Yes. <laughs> Don't worry, Hermione. I, too, have slept with Draco Malfoy. <laughs> so, uh, I love Aaron over here. I really want to see Dumbledore go flying over the raptures. <laughs> Cannot wait. <laughs> That's horrible. We can't laugh. <laughs> There's a strong possibility I will cheer when that happens in the theater, though. I probably uh, will, too. And we'll be getting many, many shocked looks from the people around me. You mean Dumbledore dies at the end? <gasps> what? Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have spoiled it. <laughs> On the Harry Potter podcast. It's okay. We'll just put spoiler alert. I wanted to talk about when Harry proposes and they're at the lake and he throws her the ring. And I'm thinking, what about if they lost it? Really bad. And he drops it and they're like, where is it? (laughs) It falls in Ron's grave and they have to go there. That's not funny. It wasn't his grave. It was just the place where he died. I know I've talked about this a little bit, but it's such a beautiful scene where they go there and it's the first time they've ever dealt with the, with the, Ron's death and they've they've discussed it before but they've never grieved together and they just both drop and they cry and they hold each other and they and they just get it all out and they scream and they just they just get all of these awful feelings and they lay Ron to rest and, and they get all everything out and they're finally at peace with the death of Ron and they're so happy they've decided this place <laughs> of, of toxic evil shall now be known for something good and they just have sex on the spot no you can't like like I'm just picturing that. It's like having sex on the Normandy beach uh, they, to say at least something good happened here. No. They follow up the having sex where Ron died. They go to Godric's Hollow, have sex where Harry's parents died. They. I love Kez's response, too. Harry gives her the ring. He's like, How, oh, I can afford it. Don't worry. They used to live in a closet. He's rich. Yes. Yeah, but not <laughs> Lane Hill. Maybe it was a family heirloom. Maybe Lily had a bling-bling or something. I, <laughs> I don't know. I give you my dead mother's bling bling as we have sex on the side of our dear departed man. That's right. I'm telling you. It's like a good luck charm. <laughs> oh. That's why they went skirting because they had the lean years and they couldn't afford anything. So I'm like, where was all his money then? It was he tied was up in Google. Yeah, it was, was, the, was tied up in investments. Green Gods was closed for a long time. I had no ability to access his money. Well, it's not like he had you know, Fred and George's store to invest in at this point. So maybe he just spent it all on crap. And they said, you know, Fred and George did open the store. Did they? they And then it went under. Yeah. And like, like, (laughs) oh, that's right. There's a big stock market crash. Harry lost all his (laughs) galleons. That's what happened. He bought the ring with the swing dancing (laughs) wings. They just melted the trophies. So then Harry goes up and Harry is giving the speech. And he looks to Hermione and Hermione nods. He's like, I know you, you... you thought that, you know, Hermione was my girlfriend. She is not. And they're all like, <gasps> and he's like, we're getting married. And the crowd goes wild. Harry's standing there all cocky. And I'm waiting for <laughs> Harry to be like, we just had sex. And <laughs> 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 the spot where our dear friend Ron died. And Molly's like, ew. <laughs> 
Bolly's crying into her handkerchief. Could you imagine if Arthur and Bolly came down to like visit the site and bring flowers? <laughs> Never have sex outdoors. McGonagall sees them holding hands and says, Oh, I always knew you two would get together. And they like scream at her. They're like, Why does everyone keep saying that? No, God damn it. Either. And then Snape's like, I never thought you would get together. I thought you are the worst couple ever. Yeah. Good job, Snape. I love how he even calls him Snape. He's like, thanks, Snape. This is for you. <laughs> I'm just glad that Snape feels comfortable to give his two cents about relationship. I mean, that's so in character. He's not even Snape. He's McGonagall's sidekick. He's wearing the tights and the Robin outfit. <laughs> it's all in black. Well, apparently Harry's out with his mage powers now because Charlie's like, make me fly. And he, like, sends her up to the roof of the Great Hall and just flies around. He just has to give Justin a long look, and Charlie. <laughs> she accidentally like bumps her head and dies, and he's like, and everyone glares. All of a sudden, what kid? We didn't have a kid. We have a kid. <laughs> You're gonna find out at the end of the story. So we've got the Justin is the ultimate bad guy. He's the manipulator. Justin is the master. <laughs> Justin's the Haitian. So, what? A the Haitian. Haitian? Do you watch? Do you watch the heroes? No. Do you watch Heroes? There's a guy. Okay, there's a guy on Heroes who is looking for all of the people what who have special Patrick? powers, and he has a sidekick who's this Haitian guy who never speaks. He, he just has to glare at you, and you'll forget everything. Is that the, the name of his race of people? Haitian uh, people, people yeah. from Haiti. Really? I thought his name was from Haiti. No, it's He's from, from Haiti. Haiti. Oh, I didn't even know there was a place called Haiti. I thought Hades was hell. <laughs> it's a, it's a That's Haiti. Haitia. It's Haiti. It's a country off the coast of Florida. United States? No, it's in the where? It's in the Caribbean, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it a little island? Yeah, it's in the Caribbean. It's in the Caribbean. All this time, I thought you were just saying Hessian in some kind of weird American accent. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. We have to Hold on. So you you're obsessed with heroes? Did you think that was like the devil the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I his name was Haitian. I kept going, why? Why did they? This is the Bob. He will explain. To you. <laughs> oh, Jen, I love you. They're sleeping in the same bed, but that's just because you know Harry's poor because all his money is tied up in investments. Can you imagine Harry? You know, Hermione, we're gonna have to get rid of the second bed. You know, budget cutbacks. <laughs> I can't imagine why people think these things about us. Oh, Armani, we don't have any room in the budget for pajamas. I'm so sorry. Are you mad? Hermione, I think she's trying to reassure someone that she's fine because they're all concerned for her well-being, as they would be. And she says, I appreciate your concern for my mental state, but I assure you I am operating up to factory specs. Yes, I was eavesdropping. My emotional state is, well, a little experience with soul-crushing despair. I'm ill-prepared to describe it, but I am in full possession of my faculties. <laughs> I'm like, she's data. She's data from Star Trek. <laughs> All systems functioning within normal parameters, Cat. They're obviously talking about sex, and Harry has said, if you think I can keep that up for half an hour, then you have a ridiculously inflated opinion of my stamina. <laughs> and all I'm thinking is three hours! Somewhere they found Harry's body. And she checks the body, and he's missing a single scar, so they're like, it's not Harry. And Lupin does the thing where he grabs his knee and, like, exhales, thank God that this was, this was a close one. And I was waiting for her to actually check to see if it was someone in Glamour. <laughs> But apparently, I'm like, maybe it's Ron. That would be a good twist. Oh, thank God, it's only Ron. <laughs> we already thought he was dead. I couldn't take this twice in life. <laughs> but um, it, it could have been Justin just staring at me. <laughs> I actually 
literally like look at the things that are in that box, a candle from a birthday cake and a ribbon from a doctorate. And it's really funny because my husband does the same thing because he doesn't have very many mementos of his childhood. And I was making the flower girl dresses for our wedding and I was trying to make these little fabric roses and I stuffed a couple of them up. So I, you know, just discarded them. And I find out like a year or so later, he's put them in this memory box that he's collecting Aww. stuff. That these is so little awesome. things. Yeah, I'm still on that idea. <laughs> Anything I think maybe sentimental I keep. Like when my father was in the, um, a few days before my father passed away, he was in the hospital and he played the same numbers in the lottery every single night. And he gave me a piece of paper with the numbers he wanted played on them and I put them in my pocket. And he called, like, the, I think you can play until like 7.52 p.m. I think is the time it closes because the drawing is at 8. And I remember it was like 7.42. He calls me. He's like, did you have the, the chance to play my numbers yet? I'm like, oh, dead. No, I, I couldn't get anywhere near uh, uh, the, the story to play them. He's like, oh, that's all right. I'm just done chemo. It's not like it matters that much to me. And I'm like doing a legal U-turn in the highway. They pull over and I play the damn number. Nice. So I've always kept like the ticket and stuff like that. And I actually have this box in my room. It's one of those massive Tupperware storage bins. It has every leather Danielle has ever written me. It has every memento in it. So I keep it downstairs. If there's ever a fire, I'm going to be lugging this freaking chest up. If I had a dog, the dog would burn alive because I have the same damn chest. It's uncomfortable and you, and you know you have to get through it. I'd compare it probably more to, like, a prostate exam. I can't um, relate to that. I wouldn't know. Ken's like, I have prostate cancer. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, I'm kind of logging, wait, do I have a prostate? Should I say that comment? Jen, no, Jen, Jen uses her prostate in her colon. She just didn't think she had a colon. I didn't know I had a colon. In Massachusetts, they have a commercial, and it's a doctor saying, you think proctology exam <laughs> And the guy straps his glove on and puts one finger up in the air and says, think about your doctor, too. It's not so great on our end. Get your prostate checked regularly. Yes. This is a public service announcement. I'm like holding uh, my butt closed watching this. Like, you know, I'm sorry, I turned it all into butts. I'm sorry. You know what music I had in my head during this? Kronk, you want to do it with me? Do you want to be Justin or George? <laughs> Oh, God. Turn I don't even around. know that song. Every now and then I get a little bit closer. And you're never coming around. That's something, something. I don't remember the rest of the words. Turn around. It's the only line I know in the It sounds so dirty. Jen's like, that sounds dirty. Why do you want me to turn around? I feel like this is so wrong. It's I don't think that episode. George is gay. It doesn't matter if George and, and Justin get found out, they'll just memory charm him and they'll forget. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they are getting it on, and every time someone finds out, they're just memory chums. <laughs> or maybe they had sig- gotten it on. Significant glare. <laughs> Perhaps they did, and, and uh, George didn't like it, I so, mean, he, so he, gave, he gave us the glare. <laughs> I'm flying tomorrow Ooh. on a big scary I, airplane. Yeah, so I gave her every episode of the Pyrofic Weekly that hasn't been released yet. I'm like, here, this will put you to sleep on the plane. Mm-hmm. And welcome back to Pyrofic Weekly, everyone. I'm Sue at Ducksfoot. I'm Keza. I'm Ray. I'm Ryan. It is like 4.30 in the morning right now. I have like an IV pumping caffeine directly into my arm. I'm thrilled. I have good vibes about this episode. Our cat has got these evil little beady eyes that bore through your soul. <laughs> it's trying to do a memory charm. It's like giving you a significant... <laughs> 
So it was like Sunday evening at like midnight going into Monday. I, I put my phone in the charger and I noticed I have a message dated Friday at 8.30. And the message opens with help. I'm <laughs> stranded. It is such a puffa story. It involves a stripper, a dozen puppies, in <laughs> a really big hole. And I'm staring at this thing thinking, do I call her back now? Because it's like midnight. But I figured if she hung on throughout the weekend, she can make it the other six hours until I can call her in the morning. Hello. So I finally get Jen on the phone. I'm like, Jen, what the hell happened? She's like, okay, here's the deal. Now, now as we all know, Jen is a photographer. She, she takes pictures of people with their permission. Otherwise, she'd be kind of, you know, strange and creepy. So she gets hired by a woman who bought a Harley for her husband and thought it would be really cool if she would take naked pictures of herself on the Harley. So it's like a twofer. Brilliant! So Jen barricades the front of her studio as there is a naked woman on a Harley inside. So she's taking pictures of the woman <laughs> per their contract. Okay. So she starts hearing loud construction noises. Like, like the of electricity. You know, zapping cockroaches, which flee from New York City because it might kill them all. Hey, get a rage bomb! There's a disastrous situation with, with construction. So, Jen looks out the window, and next to her car, there are half a dozen illegal immigrants digging a hole in the parking space. Houston, we have a problem. So she goes outside and attempts to communicate with them to find out what they're doing. And she realizes after several moments she does not understand Spanish. Come in. And she returns to her studio and barricades the door. So she resumes taking pictures of the naked woman on the Harley. But for the purposes of the story, will be nicknamed the stripper. And now the noise has suddenly stopped. What the hell? And all you hear now is two dozen puppies all barking simultaneously. She's like, what the hell is going on? I'm going out to investigate. And the stripper says, hold on, I'll come with you. Now, at this point, the stripper realizes she's not wearing any clothing. So she says, do you have anything for me to wear? So Jen hands her literally a high school graduation gown, which apparently she has, you know, when she photographs people for their high school graduation. So the stripper wearing nothing but the high school graduation gown, and Jen, who does not speak Spanish and is four months pregnant, go outside to find out what happened. Now, apparently there is a there is another business in the strip mall which breeds puppies. Now, they're purebred puppies. Jen calls them inbred puppies because she thinks they're, you know, like Lucius and Drake on Alpha. It'd be really hard to find inbred people to play the part. <laughs> so apparently what happened was the woman who owns the puppy place opened the door to find out what the noise was from all the illegal immigrants and all of the puppies escaped. Go on. It's all right. We know where they are. They all fell into the hole being created by the illegal immigrants in the parking space next to Jen and now they're all trapped in the hole. So yeah. Jen the stripper and the woman and the six illegal immigrants are now trying to you know, go down the hole and pull all of the puppies out. So they go down the hole, they finally pull all the puppies out. The woman and her puppies goes back into the puppy place, and Jen and her stripper go back into the photo studio, lock and barricade the doors, and resume taking pictures of the stripper on top of the Harley. You would think that's the end of the story. Unfortunately, now, all of the plumbing in, in the strip mall backs up, and there's water pouring out of the bathroom. I come it! Because apparently, the illegal immigrants hit some type of pipe. Jen goes out to yell at them. Realizes she doesn't know any swears in Spanish. I come it! Retreats back to her studio. The stripper is now apparently an expert plumber, and is, like, working on her plumbing, attempting to repair <laughs> the damage. The day finally ends. Jen returns to her car and realizes that her battery is dead. So she was stranded in her car in 108 degree weather, and that is when she sent me the text message. 
which I responded to within 96 hours. That is the story of Jen, the stripper, the dozen puppies, and the whole. At my office, I work with a very nice woman from Puerto Rico, and she uh, speaks Spanish as her primary language, and she has learned English um, since she's moved to the United States, to the continental U.S., but she still has difficulty with English. There are these little index cards, and they're printed on green pieces of paper. I, I ran out, so I stood over. She's in the next cubicle to me, and I, and I said, hey, I have a, do you have a green card I can use? And she's like, excuse me? I'm like, do you have a green card? And she's looking up at me. I'm like, green card, do you have a green? She thought I was doing a spot immigration check on her, and I'm just trying to get the pay. It's rather awkward. I almost committed a crime. I just needed to green. And I'm like, do you have a green card? And she's like frowning up at me like I'm an evil bastard. It was awful. So always double check what you're going to say before you say it. I have a disagreement with you. Why? What did I do U.S. Now? people did not wear berets in the Olympic they're old man hats. Is that like, why you sent me the picture tonight? Yes. An old man wearing a hat? I Googled it, and I found not what I was looking for. Because Ray sent me porn tonight. I'm getting literally po- like old man porn from Ray. No, well, I was watching the opening ceremony of the Olympics. Now, normally, Australia is like the third country out because it starts with an A. In the Chinese alphabet, apparently we come just before Zambia. Damn you all! We were waiting until nearly 1 o'clock in the morning to watch the Australian team come out. So I'm talking to Jen too and she's like, what do you mean you're watching Olympics? It's not until 7.30 tonight. I'm like, but it is tonight in China. She's like, it's not on yet. And I'm like, look, there's Team USA. I'm like, they're wearing berries. And she's like, they're what? So I'm like, haven't you seen their, their uniforms? And she's like, no. So we did this mad Google to find it. She's like, you're right. They're wearing berries. They look dreadful. But they're not actually quite berries. They're old men. Was like, it necessary for you to send me a picture of a naked old man, though? to prove that point. That was the part that was a little concerned Finally, Team Australia comes out and the Australian team are wearing baseball caps, right? And I, what I've realised this morning is I'm looking at the little old man hats and they look like baggy greens. Now, a baggy green is a cricketing cap from Australia. So I'm like, I think they swapped hats. That point has confused me as I have been reading the fic. I'm like, huh, so he's got enough money for this and he's got enough money for that and he's got enough money for the other and he's got enough money to do that. But he had to swing dance. He's like, hmm. due to wise investments, I have, you know, my money has grown threefold. It just Maybe does. he invested in Apple like Forrest Gump. <laughs> You know what? Maybe he invested in ExxonMobil when gas hit four bucks a gallon. He just raked it in. And he just got like, boom, this, lots of money. You know what's going to happen? There's going to be a chapter later in the fic where, you know, you know, Harry is saved because Hermione meets Jesus and brings Jesus back to the house and Jesus gets lost and they have to send out search parties. Hello. She's exploring the starboard wing and they eventually find Jesus, bring her back and Jesus puts her hand on Harry's forehead. Then you know, Harry too is gone, or Larry as I've taken to calling him. And everything works out <laughs> fine, and the happy music comes on in the background. <laughs> and life is good, and you know, everything is looking great. <laughs> like SWAT teams kick the door in and then like completely arrest Harry for insider trading or something. I just think <laughs> 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 Because stranger things have happened in this fic. 
You have to feel for Justin when he invites Steven over the house to meet everybody, and he forgets the fact that his roommate is a homicidal mage. Yeah, I thought that was awkward. <laughs> and then poor Steven goes over, and he's like, don't you dare call him a fag! And Harry blows him across the entire grounds <laughs> over Guard Tower B, and he, like, lands in, like, the hen area. And all I could picture is that is such a hate crime. Mage Harry, it's like, oh, God. You know, he, he, I don't know. It's What is a mage, anyway? Anyway, like, uh, is it like some kind of super... Yeah, it's like super wizard or something. Who made that up? They have a the lot term's of been around. I read it in another <laughs> book, like a book book. Yeah. And actually, the guy... Real book. Book. <laughs> well, Tell us more about the book book. Let's make Harry a mage so he's super... And you can apparently prevent the person you're about to have sex with from getting pregnant. And if you use the spell properly, you can get an erection, which we will also talk about because apparently Keza <laughs> also just read a fit where there is a very convenient spell for that. I don't know where it is anymore because I just was on Checkmate and then I just accioed a story and I don't know what it is. I can't tell you. Well, search for erection. How many stories can there be in the Harry Potter fandom that have erections? Like, like, Not a lot. Five. Come on. This <laughs> this one was Ron, though. This was Ron and Hermione in, and Pudding. So let your mind go there. Oh, I think I've read that one. I'll send you the link after. <laughs> Harry goes to the gala. Harry sees Napoleon. Harry punches Napoleon's lights out. <laughs> I was like, oh. yes! Yes, Keza is dancing, and, and Sue is cheerful, and Ray is like, oh my god, I'm getting married in eight days, and my florist just killed himself. So, Did you find well, another florist? Yes. She ripped the flowers off his gravestone, and she's using them. Well, the thing is, I'm doing the flowers myself, and so I was getting them from this florist, and we were going to put them together at the shop. Can you go to the flower customer? markets? I went to the flower yes. markets. I went to the flower markets, and I brought them home and kept them in the bathtub. We don't really have a flower <laughs> I need to bathe? Like, how does that work? Boys have a shower. I saw I put them in the bathtub because we never use the bathtub. Australians don't bathe. You heard the air first department. (laughs) No, we do. We shower. We use the shower. The bath is separate from the shower. So I put water in the bath and put my roses in the bath because we all use the shower to wash ourselves. Let me get this straight. Hermione's dating Gerald, and she's having sex with him all over the place, in showers and beds. God knows what they were doing in the in, in that winter arboretum. It's unseemly. And as it turns out, that was not Gerald. It was actually Draco Malfoy. She was used for sex. And now she finds this nice guy named Harry, but he's possessed by God knows who, some evil spirit, and the evil spirit is having rough sex with Hermione. What I think Hermione should do is when she gets into bed with people, she should give them, like, some form of identification test and have them pee in a cup. It was a very tense scene, because as you can tell, George is cooking something, which tasted awful, and he was about to have just a memory charm everyone into thinking it was the best thing they ever tasted. And Harry, like, drops the pudding or whatever the hell it was on the floor, and he starts gyrating. And George is like, um, could everyone step into the kitchen, please? Which is what I would do. If I found out there were, like, a live bomb in my kitchen, I would gather everyone into the kitchen for a family meeting. Wait, wouldn't you run? Like, I would have, like, everybody get out. Harry's about to explode. (laughs) So every time that Aaron blinks, I hear it like someone's playing the drums. So he, unfortunately, has a really hard time podcasting. That doesn't give me a hard time podcasting. just gives the editors a hard time. Right, Kevin? Uh, trying really that. hard to not say anything mean. You can say it. I can take it. Yeah, was, your microphone stinks. 
stumps and faces. Stupid things. Thump, 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 thump. Now, I have a question, though. Who has the worst microphone, Aaron or Julia? There you go. Thank you. Harry one and Harry two. I love how they call him Harry two with no space. It's like they give him an internet handle. It's like Gen two. Like Gen two, exactly. So is Gen two the evil side of our regular Gen? She's the evil side of me. There was plenty of, of sexual references in Deathly Hollows. I must have a very pure mind because I did not catch them. To what are you referring? I'm lost. <laughs> Gosh, you know, um, I may be over overstating it, honestly. <laughs> Perhaps I'm remembering a fanfic. I think you're thinking of the Lavender Brown collection. There was no, uh, you know, Ron and Hermione, you know, romping around the entire time. Dude, Harry gets his Mac on in that series, too. Exactly. It's like, you know, they're all looking for Harry in the final battle, and they notice his car in the parking lot is shaking, and no one knows why. The back window is misted, and his hand comes up and, and slides down. <laughs> <laughs> and then he paints her, and then the book paints <laughs> No, no, he paints her, paints her first. <laughs> and she jumps the old man after and he has the hand, much too old. And then, and then they're on a door. And she's like, I want to go, Jack. And she punches him and he falls in the water. And she does jump in after him some 50 years later. No, she doesn't. No, you're thinking she of the does. commercial. No, right at the old... end, when she's an old woman, she jumps no, in the water. No, 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 You're thinking of the, of the Yellow Pages commercial. It's metaphorical. She throws the diamond in, then she, like, dies in her bed. Yeah, like she dies right stuff. after that. But then she's down, like, with them. She metaphorically jumped in with when she threw in that diamond. She was giving up her life to be with Jack again. Well, I get that, but she actually didn't jump off the side of the damn boat. Like, no, like she was little... too old to do that. Too old. There's an age limit on falling off a boat? Still? I mean, she couldn't <laughs> climb over the rail. Yes. Then, see? She was too oh, She couldn't get a leg up. No, you can't, you can't climb over the rail and jump into the water unless you're under the age of uh, 65. She can't get your leg up over the railing. It makes sense to me. I took it that every night in her dreams, she saw him. That's how I... No, 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 because no, we're waiting for That's him. That's the song. Yeah. Aaron, That's can you song. please sing the song for me? Maybe that will jar my memory. Uh, no, I, I will not uh, Will not sing Celine Dion. Turn around. I'll feel you. That is how I know you. Go Oh, the wedding planner's here. Oh, Hermione, you bad organizer with your time. Picard is kidnapped by aliens, okay? A duplicate Picard is sent back to the Enterprise. And he sings, and he, he, and he sleeps with Dr. Crusher, and he orders them to fly the ship into a sun. But at the end of it, the real Picard comes back, and he brings the aliens who kidnapped him for experimental purposes. God knows where they poked him. And and he looks at his crew, and he gives a significant glance to Worf. And Worf's like, ah... And Warp punches three buttons on his panel. As he's monologuing, like I have been for the last hour, he looks at Data and gives a significant glance. And Data's like, ah, and Data presses his buttons. And then he glances, at, the janitor comes on the bridge. He glances at the janitor. He's like, ah, don't mop the floors now. He walks out. So he glances at everyone on the bridge. 
and that's the code word to throw the net over the aliens. We shall keep them and give them away as Christmas gifts to malnourished <laughs> aliens. I just thought that that's actually a Star Trek episode that has a significant glance via plot device where there's no reason they should... Th- like, for example, when you significantly glance at Worf, that means shoot them! Shoot them! But he apparently thought that meant keep them! Keep them! Geek out with Sue. Favorite Next Generation episode. Go. <laughs> Relics. Relics. Oh, of course. Of course. Good choice. Good choice. Mine is All Good Things. I oh, go that's the, that got to do with PIE? <laughs> what? What is that got to do with PIE? I'm just standing back in the corner. What is this? You people be... are Hufflepuffs. You are the least geeky people on the forum. Now, that is unfair. I've done scientific tests. <laughs> the results are on there. The character is versatile. Ooh, <laughs> what word? What? He's what? what? That would be versatile. Okay, now you're talking American. <laughs> I'm talking American. What word is that? Versatile? Versatile? Versatile. Oh, versatile. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry. Just a, I, I, just was, a I was speaking the United States in front of Kesner. <laughs> it's an <laughs> alternate pronunciation of the word. Address, address, tomato, tomato. Tato, tato. Now we gotta bring up the weird ships. What, what weird did, we I've seen lists of some pretty good ones. So, I accidentally so, read one this week. What was the ship? <gasps> it was right. Remus Tree. He had it off with a tree. Let me just put it that way, and may we never speak of this again. What do you think about, like, you know, Snape Dobby? I think Hagrid Dobby is worse than that. Oh, oh. <laughs> we were talking about HG ships, and P.S. was like a complete Harry Ginny hater. And she said that, suggested that the H stood for Hedwig. Because <laughs> oh, don't go like Hermione or anything. Jump right to the owl that died. Exactly. I can't remember what we were doing and what we were talking about us. It ended up Hedwig and Ginny, and I'm just like, no, just well, no. HG, Harry Dudley, everyone's like, it's Drake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're squeaking me out. You're squeaking me. Let's get back to Dumbledore, and I, I was going to say Dumbledore, but that seemed too weird. And I actually went over to Rose of Sorry. Well, you can so, do Harry 1, Harry 2. Oh, God, it's a Harry Harry. It's HH. HH. I've seen that listed on Fictionally, actually, and I'm like... Harry Harry? Well, obviously, Keza, it's got to be time-traveling Harry. He travels back in time to be with himself because he loves himself so much. Like, Because that's, that's what Harry's all about, is about just... He, He's so self-centered. Yes. And after he has that wonderful moment, you know, pleasuring himself, he looks out the window and he's like, what the hell's Remus doing to that tree? It's awful. <laughs> and why is Ginny with Hedwig right now? I don't, I don't get it. What's going on? Why did she She belongs to me. This is why we don't podcast at 2.13 in the morning anymore. Tess is perfectly lucid. <laughs> I have nothing. <laughs> no. The Olympics have already started. They That's have. Right. They have. And we They've... beat someone in basketball. I have oh, no idea what it was, but we beat someone in basketball. It was a very exciting moment. Look at the bright side. If there's a nuclear war and, and, and the world gets nuked, Kez is the first to go. That's a bright <laughs> side. <laughs> of life. Da, 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 da. Why everybody. would Kez be first to go? Because she's in the future. She's in tomorrow. Oh. Tomorrow there now. The first big fireworks in the world on January the 1st are in Sydney. Woohoo! Cool. The shockwave moves <laughs> left. I was also in Sydney. I in in 2000 for New Z fireworks. I have been around. You have. Sounds like it. No. <laughs> I should not have said that. 
Keza <laughs> gets around. Everyone say goodnight while I'm there. Quick. Goodnight. <laughs> hey. Welcome back to Fantastic. I'm Keza. And I'm the ADP on here. So far, it kind of blows. So I thought we'd use the time to investigate the ship, Snape and Harry. I think you've gone over to the bad place. Now, it may not come as a surprise to anyone that I'm not a fan. Holy Merlin magician! I ship Harry Ginny. I write Harry Ginny. I read Harry Ginny. Snape and Harry, not really my thing. So I thought I'd find out what other people think. Keza has requested that I give an opinion of the Snary ship, which is the Snape-Harry fanfiction relationship. I cannot wrap my brain around it. I think probably my best comment on this is I had to stop reading. In the end, I had to get out the brain bleach so that I could sleep without bad dreams. Harry and the professor? Well, I never thought of that. And if that makes them happy, I'm not going to get in their way. Uh, The Nargles might have something to say about it. Why, just the other day, I found a huge infestation of them in the potions classroom. Well, it's not my job to interfere. At least Harry found some happiness. I didn't get further than Luna. I... She scared me, so I enlisted the help of a friend of ours. Thank you, Kessa, and greetings to our listeners. Today on Payencast, we investigate the phenomenon of snarry fanfiction. In order to complete this investigation, I ask the opinions of those most involved. What? Me and Snape? <laughs> You've seen Snape, really? No, no, seriously. What was your real question? Look, first off, I don't fancy blokes, all right? And even if I did, he's old enough to be my dad. He was literally in my dad's year at school. And I think he kind of fancied my mum, which would just be weird. And even if there was some universe where some of that wasn't true, I don't know, I just can't see it. I mean, it's just, he's Snape, you know? Setting aside the question of sexual orientation, which fact I am sure some of you would prefer not to have confirmed, surely you don't think I would be so indiscreet as to pursue a relationship with a student? Even were that not the case, I find it highly unlikely that a blithering dunderhead such as Potter could ever reach the necessary emotional and intellectual maturity to be of worth as a partner. Along with that, there is little about about him, I would find in any manner attractive. At the very least, something would have to be done about those idiotic glasses. In short, such a lesson would require the occurrence of an extraordinary series of events before it could become remotely possible. Now, unless you have further questions relating to the art of potions, I do have more pressing demands on my time. Right now, we're balanced here between two fans on the more critical ends and two fans on the more, oh my god, P.O.U., I love you end. Which end am I on? I think you're on the (laughs) end, just a little bit. The crying like a girl end? Your new name for the remainder of this podcast is Captain Sissy Mary. It's Corporal Sissy Mary, damn it. I think the only way you can make me really like Ron is if you lock him in the closet for ten years. 
Gen is with a child, which will hopefully be a boy named Ryan. If we find out this kid is a boy, I am raising the biggest letter writing campaign in history. And we are going to bombard Jen's house and we are going to force her to name this kid Ryan. And welcome back to ooh, and welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. Do you know that you always say and welcome ooh and welcome like every <laughs> <laughs> and I the only laughs and notices. Uh, Jen, every time I, I hear them say that, I'm like, what? Were you just coming back from commercial break? There's no commercial. <laughs> I know. Welcome back to Puffwa, Ryan speaking. Ew. I'm Jen. <laughs> I'm Rena. Oh, hey, hold the phone now. I want to get this straight. Okay, it's Ryan, Jen, Chi, Renna. I am the peon because Ryan fired me. I did not fire you. Chi, Renna. more time with your family. Okay, no, seriously, from now on, it's Ryan, Chi, Renna, and then whoever guest hosts, and then Jen. Hi, I'm Bob, king of the world, and I'm Jen. I'll be like Eeyore. All right, you know what? There's only one way to settle this. Ryan speaking. Everyone else say hi in alphabetical order. Hi. Wait, am I Chi or Katie? <laughs> Your name's Wait, Katie. <laughs> Who the hell is Katie? You do it alphabetical by Matt. first name. Then it would be is- Aaron and then Aaron and then... <laughs> All right, we definitely have yeah. to call her Rena because this whole Aaron Aaron thing is not working. Yeah. So you're Rena. If I came on the podcast and introduced myself as Aaron, nobody would know who I am. Welcome back to Puffwa, Ryan speaking. Hi, my name is Jen, Lady <laughs> Chi here. Rena is in the house. Hi, I'm Aaron. Doesn't <laughs> he sound like he's on that Making a Match.com video? <laughs> Hi, I'm Aaron, and I enjoy long walks on the beach. Live from the Perfect Weekly Studios in Fargo, North Dakota. I'm Ryan from the future. I'm Chi from the future. And I'm Mage Keza. Keza is usually Keza from the future, but we are so far in the future, Keza is officially a mage. So we just wanted to chime in to let you know, yes, we know. I know that Joe Biden was selected as Barack Obama's running mate. I was actually in the woods when it happened, and I cheered, and I had a laptop over my head, and there were crickets, and I think I was chased by a badger. And I was very, 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 very excited that it wasn't Voldemort, basically, because I was kind of fearing that... The, <laughs> he was very concerned I that was. was going to be the... I was. Now, I know, I know Lady Chi over here was... Are you hoping, sure that's not Voldemort? Joe Biden is actually not Voldemort. We have looked into that. We have, aside from... Oh. Oh, minor okay. wheelchair incident. And also, I'm told that uh, Chuck Graham, state senator, is here. Chuck, stand up, Chuck. Let him see you. Oh, God love you. What am I talking about? I tell you what, stand up for Chuck. There, there has I Joe Biden's running a really flawless campaign so far. I feel very <laughs> I'm here as the Joe Biden fanboy, and Lady Chi over here is here as the Sarah Palin fangirl. Keza, Mage Keza, is here because she is Australian. And that is cool. And that's very cool. But anyway, that's all right, because we are both very excited. We should do, like, a dueling match for the fight. We should, with lightsabers. That would be awesome. Joe Biden's so kicking her ass. I don't know about that. I think I think Sarah Palin has the power of the dark side and could, like, shoot electricity out of her she's Voldemort. You have one Sarah Palin is Voldemort. Because <laughs> I, I am thrilled. I am. I am. I am thrilled. I met an American on Sunday, 
And she was very excited that I actually knew something about the um, American election. She was like, oh, like looking at me like I was like weird because I knew about it. And I'm like, oh, I'm smart. And <laughs> I am, I know stuff. So I was watching this Sarah Palin thing, right? And I think that she just, she told us that she can see Russia from her house. That she, might have been a little bit of hyperbole. She did say that she is an Alaskan and was keeping an eye on Russia for the rest of us. But here's the thing, Sarah Palin isn't armed. What is she really going to do? She's with, she's like a binoculars. Sarah Palin is armed. She has a gun. She's going to get in her helicopter and take him out like a moose. Keza, on behalf of Australia, besides the Russian thing, do you have anything you would like to add or anything you would like to put the Australian stamp of approval on globally speaking right america's like the leader of the free world so whoever's the leader of the country is like really really important mm-hmm. even to like the little people like down under because our prime minister will go oh look at him i want to be in his pocket and be his little puppet <laughs> so it's really important that the person that's got to pull the strings for australia is a good guy i'm sure john mccain is fantastic but i'm really not that thrilled with sarah palin because she seems to think that she could keep an eye on Russia. Like, I'm thinking, is she going to try and build a bridge, you know, that she can walk over there every day and check it on? How you doing, Russia? Hope you're doing okay. You're not going to, like, do anything bad. All so, I can say, Keza, is whatever you do, do not ask Sarah Palin if she was planning to build a bridge. It's, it, it, yeah, it's don't ask that question. Handle. All right, Ryan from Wait, the future out. Uh, Chief from the future out. Mage Keza out. said if he picks Mitt Romney for his vice presidential candidate, I'm going to have to move to Canada because there's going to no. be nothing for me here. I have a McCain bumper sticker on my car. If he picks Mitt Romney as his running mate, I am voting for Barack Obama. If he picks Voldemort as his running mate, I will put an Obama-Voldemort bumper sticker on my car. I am not serious. I will run on a death-to-mudblood platform if Mitt Romney is John McCain's running mate. I'm just... I have, like, Diet Coke coming out of my nose. I want to move on to a more serious criticism, and this is of Joe Rowling. Cannon. I think that Uh-oh. Joe really suffered because she didn't realize that the true reason that Harry is a hero is because of his hair. <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason everybody wants to take care of Harry. The exact quote is, that's what makes people want to take care of him. It's that messy hair. It gives him this little boss boy <laughs> quality. It makes people want to straighten it up for him. And I started laughing. Oh my god. Alright, now I would like to give Jen a chance to respond because Jen loves Paradigm of Uncertainty and she is cringing at she's criticism of Harry's hair. So, Jen, please rebut. I am not. I agree. I love that comment. No, you... Ha- well, I know, but she didn't like it, Jerry. <laughs> That's the difference. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. No, she wasn't being sarcastic. What Hold on. I thought that was you being sarcastic. I'm like the anti-Mike. I thought that was you complaining oh. about. <laughs> no. I was, oh, she was I saying was it was being, funny. I was yeah, saying it was, it was funny. Yeah, it was a good description. Oh, I thought you hated it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's going to hate everything. Okay, no. never mind. Ooh. Oh, my Lord. How long have you known me? You might have lost talking privileges for the whole night. <laughs> okay. Hold on, she. We're losing you. Hold on. Let's put on hold for a minute. Damn, we lost. Oh, she's on hold. Right. Now, Chi, would you like to come back to the podcast now? <laughs> Jen, what was the country, too, that you didn't know was a country? Oh, I don't know. Name a few. And, and... <laughs> I read a news the other day and on the Olympics, and I was like, dude, that's a country? I was doing my United States alphabetical song the other day. Uh-huh. I was singing, and I was like, Delaware? Where the 
state like i have no idea where it is and i'm like i'm like are they sure it's a state danielle is armenian she was she was tivoing fast forwarding through the opening ceremony to find armenia and she's reading off the names of the countries because they flash the country that's coming next at one point she's like canada i'm like do you mean canada dear jen snape is evil go Okay, now you're just going to make her cry. Hey, am I the only one that was getting, like, serious Matrix vibes? From the Oracle? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. It was totally, yeah, definitely. I mean, that whole time I'm reading that, I'm just thinking, I'm like, okay, he's going to step out into the Matrix any second now. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like take the red pill, Hermione. Take exactly. the red pill. Well, I called Jen yesterday. I'm like, Jen, this Oracle thing that Sabutesh has, mm-hmm. they can put, they can stick it over Ron's casket and it will tell them if Ron's inside there. That would have been very helpful if they had that when they found the, the fake Harry body and jen's response is the matrix wasn't out yet duh it felt like i want to show that these two people are so perfect together so what's the best way to do it i know crazies we'll make them date crazy people there's just something about an evil guy massacring millions of people that just makes me tingly what really amuses me about this fic is sometimes I think Lori realizes that she's written a really ridiculous love scene. And so, like, the next chapter will have Laura going, you people are so ridiculous. <laughs> that's not the breakup part of the story. They're back together. Ryan oh, and I sorry. are skipping around. You have to follow our train of thought because it doesn't. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. I, I had it's, difficulty it's... hearing. I thought you said Ryan and I are sleeping around. I'm like, what? Would be that's what scene? I thought she said, too. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, whoops, there's some there's some fodder for the quibbler. Someone insinuated that you and, what was it, Tina were going away together. <laughs> yeah, was, was it Tina? Whoever it was. I have a coworker who I work with who's 52 oh. years old. So whatever happened was that I went to New York City on a Friday and I came back on a Monday. So I would work. I would work half a day Friday and half a day Monday. And my coworker wanted to go to stay with her friend in New York. So she's like, would you mind driving me to the train station when you leave? And then I'll meet you at Grand Central Station on Monday morning. And maybe you could just drive me back and we'll go into the office. I'm like, let me get this straight. You want me to leave work with you on a Friday afternoon and come back into work with you on a Monday afternoon with bags from New York City? You don't think that's going to start the rumor, Bill? People don't think. That's my only point. People don't think. Where the hell were we? We were at Laura, sorry, sex, bad sex. Someone walked me back. They're broken up. Bad. We haven't gotten to the bad sex yet because I want to talk about that. <laughs> so they're broken up. When she puts in her author's notes, this is a very oh, dark chapter. By I was the way, like this a rape scene off. or something. Yeah, this author's note at the beginning. I'm going, I'm thinking rape scene, child molestation, yeah. blood, yeah. gut. Yeah. Something's going to no. really horrify me. I'm like, you bad do not sex. know your audience. Bad girl. Bad <laughs> sex. It's, it's so bad, bad sex. we can't it's so bad we can't even talk about it in the morning and we'll try it again tomorrow yeah. and it's even worse. How is, yeah, I get that. How is that uh, disturbing? How is I get unless you're like thirteen and you think that sex is wonderful all the time. Yes. Like, every time yes, and yes, Virgin's Ravage. Every time you know. see stars. Yeah, yeah. Virgin's <laughs> Ravage people all the time. <laughs> can successfully ravage anyone. <laughs> Harry Potter, come on. But, uh, I so swear to God, that's one of my is... favorite clips from the intro. It's line of Jen. He's Harry Potter. <laughs> like, how he's not beating his chest. He's probably so nervous that he ain't going to What does it about Harry being Harry Potter that people think makes it, gives him like a magic cock or something? It's like, oh, you know, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> 
Well, I'm sorry. Like, I just love that we're, phrase. We're magic about the fact magic cock was hilarious. <laughs> it's like the part where everyone's like, Draco Malfoy is a sex god, and I'm like, he's inbred. Come on. I know. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just saying, obviously, because he has super sperm, he's got to have magic cock. Harry's dialogue felt like he was being read off a teleprompter, and I actually cheered when they had sex because it marked the end of the scene. And she's like, are we having sex on the balcony? I'm like, Hermione, who cares? It shuts him up. Just do whatever he says. So that, so that scene was just really not a fan of (laughs) i was no it was it was just the dialogue was bad (laughs) not a fan um, of harry monologuing then i guess that's no because i I because only i can do it I don't want to have a Dumbledore conversation i'm good oh i'll get bad (laughs) oh we'll we'll throw down some time chi chi oh yeah we'll go we'll go at it i'll do i will defend dumbledore to the end of the year oh will you oh ooh, 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 ooh. This could be interesting. Oh, anyway, I'm not sure what's going on with Aaron right now. <laughs> um, I couldn't tell if he was musing yeah. or if he was having a tiny little orgasm. That's what I was wondering, too. I, I think that we should talk about um, finding Ron or finding out that Ron is, is yes. alive. I think we've yes. talked the Harry Ron Hermione relationship. The Harry Hermione relationship. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Harry, Ron, and Hermione together in a relationship? That, that, sounds, like, that sounds like a what fan fiction premise. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I have, I have a statement to make. I have a statement to make first. I have a statement to make first. Okay. Go for it. All right. Let's go over Hermione Granger's sex life, okay? You have sex with Ron, and you high-five him, and you say one more thing off the checklist, a comment I will get to later, and he dies within hours. The, the, there was a reference to the fact that they had sex, high-fived, and said one thing less to do. So you can tell Lori is registered at checkmated.com. So, you know, so Hermione's sex life, chapter one. Have sex with Ron. Ron is dead within three hours. Okay, maybe that didn't go as well as we hoped. Have sex with Gerald. Gerald turns out to be Draco Malfoy. Okay, that did not work well. Have sex with Harry. Harry seems to be possessed by an evil dark wizard. That did not go well. Um, have sex with Harry again. Harry is depressed and on, you know, some type of medication, and he does not acknowledge the sex at any other point other than the time where he's having, so it's like mutual masturbation. Okay. You're, you're Hermione Granger. You're at your sink, and you hear the front door, hello, and no one answers. And you hear the kitchen door open, and you hear footsteps approach you, and you hear someone, like, like hold you down on the countertop and start breathing on you for 60 seconds. That's weird even if you know the person. breathes on you for 60 seconds. And yeah. Hermione's like, oh, this is such a turn-on. All I could think of is, then there's scene, she's literally, she's chopping tomato. And there's actually dialogue. Like, it's written in the story. He takes the knife out of her hand, and I'm waiting for and plunges it into her abdomen. <laughs> so all I can think of is, Hermione, with your history, if someone holds you down over the counter, grabs the knife out of your hand, and is breathing on you, all I can think of is, ask for two forms of ID now. This is either something that belongs on adultfanfiction.net or it's a scene from a bad screen movie. I was like, I was like, she's gonna get raped! Oh my god! And she didn't warn me! Nobody warned me that she's gonna get raped! And like, she's getting turned on and I was like, okay, things that don't turn me on. <laughs> Guys getting raped. behind with no warning and taking the only well, half out of my hand and then no, breathing and- on my neck. I would be like, 
elbow in the groin, I'm going to get rid of your ability to have children. Because obviously, if you think that's a good idea, your genes no. do not need to kill you. <laughs> no. What's even a worse there's, a, idea? there's a strange and also frightening logic to that, Chi. Thank the thing. you. A few years ago, it was Thanksgiving. My mother had her apron on, and she had a large butcher knife in her hand. And she looked at me and said, do I look fat in this? <laughs> oh. There's moments in your life where you have to know the right thing to say and the wrong thing to say, the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do. Did you say, yes, you look fat? Because if you did, we're talking... I said, mother dear, you look wonderful and I ran like hell. Okay, you're going to tiptoe into the kitchen where the trained spy, the government agent, has a knife in her hand, sneak up behind her, grab her, and start breathing on her. You're going to lose a body part. I hope they at least had a safety word or something. <laughs> he came up behind her and he like breathed on her neck and he's like, bananas. I think in the scene in the kitchen, I think Harry was like teleporting it in from the other room. Because then he turns around, there's no one there, which is kind of weird. Because I was just groped by Casper the ghost. This started out chronologically as a canon story that became a Harry Hermione story. So the, how canon broke down is very relevant. So I like the fact that those details are there. Ron wasn't just some fling she had. She's kept the stuff for 11 years. That matters a lot. I really like that that was in there. And the women are asleep. So have a good night, everybody. Hey. Hold on. You guys seem like... Ryan, you do realize that when you do these monologues, you know, sometimes you'll take a pause that lasts like five minutes, and then you'll keep going. (laughs) And so... We tend to wait a little bit after you finish talking because we don't know if you're going to start up again, and we didn't want to interrupt you. You big fat liar, but that's okay. (laughs) Neville decides he's somewhat obsessed with Hannah Abbott's breasts. And this is the part that we're going to dedicate to Ryan. This giant spider came down out of nowhere, like right in front of my face, floating in midair. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. I'm sitting at my my dining room table on my computer, and this spider, like in the middle of the air between my face and the screen, just came down. Now it's going back up, and I don't see it anymore. You should have seen the big one that crawled across the kitchen floor last night. I couldn't live where you live, Sue. I hear stories about your country folk. You go with the exterminator for one cockroach. Hello, Bob. The last time that I was at my doctor's office, I asked him, because like, the wee fit was all over the place, two pounds one day, and then later in the day, I'm like, five pounds lighter, and it's like, what, this doesn't make sense, there's no way I lost five pounds in a day. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, what's going on? So apparently my doctor says, okay, you need to be weighing at the same time every single day, right. and if you can, like, to get the most accurate reading, obviously you, you have to be naked. So I was like, okay. Oh, God, you're naked on your wee fit? <laughs> No, not podcast. Okay, hang on. Save the story for the podcast. It seems like a horrific weekly type story. <laughs> it is a horrific. All right, hang on. Let's start the podcast and we'll do it. And welcome back to Horrific Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Sue. Mary. Mike. Fail. <laughs> I know everyone is thinking to themselves, uh, where the hell is Jen? Jen, obviously pregnant with a little thumper, a little Ryan. While she's pregnant, you would assume everything would just die down. She would just oh, no. be a random pregnant woman. You assume that, of course. You would think. And, and last week, we had a little bit of a hiccup. And this week, we're like, okay, everything's going to be fine. So my phone beeps, and then it beeps, and it beeps. And because it's coming from Jen, it's like, pick up your phone. Pick up your phone. Pick up your phone. 
I'm completely humiliated in front of my coworkers. So I get the following message from Jen. Now, okay, you know what? Let's do a little interactive Puffwa game here. Complete this sentence. Sue, my truck window was open last night when I was leaving the studio. As I was pulling out of the parking lot, a bird flew in. Mike? I lost control of the car and swerved. Robert? She was attacked by a mob of hobos. Aaron? There was a guy in the back seat with a puppy. <laughs> You're all somewhat right. I got attacked by a fruit bat. It flew in the truck window and then couldn't get out. I was alone and screaming and jumped out of the truck. It wouldn't come out. What? I called the police. <laughs> they showed up. Then the story got ridiculous. So I called Jen. I'm like, Jen, what happened? She's like, I'm sitting in my car, and I look out the window, and I see the fruit bat flying at my car, and I'm thinking, bah. So the fruit bat is flying at her open window, and she's looking at it, and it's looking at her, and it's getting closer. And she says, and I quote, no. 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 This will not happen. The fruit bat flies in the car and, like, hits her hand and flies around. And she's like, ah! She jumps out of the car. And she calls the police, and please come. And they're like, well, we're not animal control. We, we don't know what to really tell you. You know, we can't. So she thinks they're going to come and, like, shoot the fruit bat. And they're like, we're not going in there. So they're like, well, we'll lock your car up for you so, you know, nothing can get into it. But this is Jen's biggest concern. Not the fact that she has been scratched by a fruit bat. And the thing with fruit bats is if they're out in the day, they probably have rabies. Right. And she's been scratched by a fruit bat. That's not her concern. Her biggest concern is she's afraid the fruit bat will, and I quote, poop in her car. <laughs> so they lock her car up, and now they say, ma'am, we have to take you to the hospital. She's like, why? Something's wrong. So like, we have to have you tested for rabies. Now, the problem is, Jen is pregnant, and she can't have a rabies shot. This is Jen's thought process. I have rabies. I can't have the rabies shot. Her biggest concern at this point... Is they're going to bring her out back like they did with old Yeller and put her down in the backyard? And her exact response was, it's better than foaming at the mouth because that would just be embarrassing. And that, children, concludes our fairy tale. She's not here, but fortunately, Jen does not have rabies. Ron's become this master of deduction. So every time they start to tell him something, he's like, oh, yeah, I already figured that out. And they're like, how did you do that? And he's like, oh, well, I was watching you and, and this is Elementary, my dear Harry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so Ron borders on, like, sex offender at some points in here. It's okay. I understand the fact that <laughs> you, you want to see your friends Stop. kiss. But, like, when they're having sex and you're hiding under the bed with a video camera, that takes on, like, a whole new life. <laughs> and even Laura is like, you're creeping me out. He's like, I must. Love- Yes. Create a commonly embarrassing moment as a means of bonding over a clearly troublesome topic. Something they could laugh about later. Open the door to a meaningful discussion. So that was his plan. He was going to walk in on them, and then they were going to be able to talk about this. That rings of reading too many psychology books without actually participating in real life. Ooh, look Purpose. at that psychoanalysis by Brother Mike. There's the moment later in the sh- in the story where Ron's like laying in bed, and he looks out the window, and he sees a dark figure in the shadows. He's like, that's <laughs> odd. I'm on the 13th floor. So he runs to get Harry and Hermione, and they're naked in bed, and he like sees her breasts, and Harry's naked. I was waiting for the line where he's like, ah, you know what, if this were a year ago, this would have been helpful, but no. After they have the breakthrough, he finally does actually uh, walk in on them, and then they tell him about the uh, the 
scale. scale. I love the scale. Oh. Like this is a level four, and Joe's like, I saw a level six once. We do not discuss it. Read just like the part of one in your sexy voice, if at all possible. All right. In that case, <laughs> Tuesday. Oh, is this the person they're always talking about that has the supposedly sexy voice you that all the girls are always talking about? Yeah, you haven't met Robert yet. I've met him. I didn't realize this was the person they were all talking about. Yes, this is Robert with the sexy yes, voice. Robert, they're, they're Robert. all talking about you. Observer quietly enters partial second floor of library balcony, engaged in reconnaissance. Maintaining cover of shadow, observer surveys the lower portions of the room. Observer knows presence of target B, white female. Engaged in uh, perusal of white book, of white bookshelves. Wait, I just made that up. Bookshelves. Target A. White male is not in evidence. Adversary C offers a sarcastic aside to which observer responds with nonverbal expression of dissatisfaction at her interference. Okay, you're locked in a bathtub for 12 years, and now you're out, and your goal in life is to see Harry and Hermione kiss. And it's... On a random note, yep. I think, Ryan, you'd be a good replacement for Judge Judy. Judge Judy sees what other judges can't see. Have you ever seen that show? You're going to be crying before this is over. Why did I just remind you of Judge Judy? We do everything my way here, because it's my playpen. I could see you be, like, lecturing them on, like, what they did wrong, kind of. Oh, I would. Do you know why that's not the way it happened? Because it doesn't make sense. Oh, I have a coworker who's having a lot of problems with her son. Like, every day I'm critiquing her parenting skills. In my entire <laughs> life, I've had a turtle and a goldfish under my care and both died gruesome deaths. But I'm telling people how to raise their children. It's very sad. What a wonderful guy you are. Two cold stars for you. Hermione's like, Harry, you know, are you sure you want Ron to do that? Because I'm really good at research. And he turns to her and he's like, well, he's good at research too, but you know kung fu. Well, I like the part too where they're on the golf course protecting the people. Oh, and I have a big problem with the people on the boat. Give me a second. And they're on the golf course. I, I'm just picturing Harry like marching over to Hermione. You got a chair? Oh, yeah, I got it. And she's marching up to like the four huge people. And she's like, and she's like marching up the hill and she beats the shit out of them. I love the moment where she she beats up, I think, two large men and, and one woman. And this other woman's giving her a hard time because this woman knows kung fu and she's like a black belt. And she does this entire thing. I'm picturing her standing on one foot with her arms extended going, Wah! like doing like the bird thing. <laughs> And Hermione's like, what the hell was that? <laughs> and she just like, walks over and like punches her in the face and she's down for the count. Hermione walks back. She's like, I didn't know they gave black belts and stupid. I thought that the wedding chapter was about 50,000 words too long. Like, I have to tell you, I'm getting engaged. I, I think I thought I was actually going to be married. I thought you were engaged. I am engaged. I am engaged. This is the confusion <laughs> part I have. I keep saying I'm married and the engagement is coming up. I keep flipping the two in my head. So I'm telling people I have wedding pictures and they're like, you bastard, you didn't invite me to your wedding. And I just get confused. I honestly thought I was going to be married before that chapter was over. I felt like it was like, like I'm playing. Planning a wedding, and I have to tell you, reading this chapter stressed the ever living crap out of me. I'm actually considering some type of lottery system where I'll give like free stuff to people who don't bring their spouses and take each other because <laughs> they'll save me like sixty bucks a head or whatever. This I don't have a spouse. <laughs> hey, invite me. Invite. I'm getting married literally like four houses into New Hampshire. Like you can throw a rock and hit Massachusetts. You would think I'm getting married on green acres the way these people talk. 
like, you're in New Hampshire now. <laughs> so Danielle and I picked the place out. A lovely woman who's giving us a tour of the place where we're having our wedding. And I made a comment about Father of the Bride. And she's like, oh, what's that? I'm like, it's a story about, you know, a couple that get married. Oh, and, and wedding coordinators. Oh, like you. Oh. Mm. I love the weddings of the homes. They're very personable, very warm, because they're fabulous. Uh-oh, hello! Five months, not much. But we can do it, and it will be spectacular. <laughs> you haven't seen it? No! I'm like, really? This is like an astronaut being like, Star Trek, what's that? But all I could picture reading the story was Harry's Day from Hell. I forget how it starts off, but he's in the kitchen, and Ginny's screaming at him for inviting his ex, even though Hermione already knows. And then Claire right. Granger is like, screw you, I will decide what ring you and Hermione use. And Harry has to like get into a fist fight with his mother-in-law right before the wedding. You can see Harry's hair fall out as the scene is progressing. All I could picture was him in the Jeep flying away from Baileycroft. And I was picturing like Hermione have to bail him out of jail because he went to like the supermarket and got into a fight with the clerk over like the hot dog buns or something. Like I was waiting for it to be the full Steve Martin. If I have to move out all the furniture... And add amps, and repaint the walls, and get a new tux, and pay for swans. Then I like the chipper chicken. Is that clear? Yes. I see you're starting to lose it. I was beginning to feel like I was having an out-of-body experience. I had to get out of the house and fast. This fic probably stressed me out more about my own <laughs> wedding than anything else. The other thing I just love, too, is the fact that Harry and Hermione have sex everywhere. They go into the classroom. We have a few hours to kill. Let's have sex. I'm like, who, who does that? Later on, on the cushion, they get the, the invisibility cord. Like, let's let's just have sex here. You know, put the invisibility cloak, cloak over us, silencing charms. We're good to go, right? They're a bit exhibitionist. Yeah. Well, the thing is, every book in the damn freaking canon says, hmm, we wish this invisibility cloak was a little bit bigger, don't we? Because they all fit <laughs> under it. So I'm picturing it's like Harry's naked ass in the air as they move over. It's like, you can't be doing that. That's ridiculous. As they're spying on people, they are the worst spies ever. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. This is my problem with some of this. Hermione and Harry are at Hogsmeade, and they're attacked by a muggle. And Harry's like, no, well, I'll go to federal prison. We must kill him with our bare hands. Okay, then they go to rescue Ron, and they're pinned down, and the ceiling is caving in, and they have their arms wrapped around each other, and hope is lost, and they've given in to the inevitable. And Hermione's like, Harry, do you think we should shoot back? And, and Harry's like, no, I'll have to pay a fine. And they're like holding each other. There's a and bunch then, of paperwork. Exactly. But then Harry's on the freaking boat. And he's like, ooh, want to see some magic? Want to apparate to San Francisco? I'm like, you can't do th- You'll go to federal prison. Like, you can't. What is it? Does it not count on boats? Like, I don't understand the rules of this damn universe. It's National tracking. Of the time. International yeah, territory, maybe. It's like what they do in Massachusetts. You can't. You can't gamble, so they have a gambling boat, and they push it off the shore, and now that we're in international waters, we can gamble and then come back in. Yeah. It's like, I, like, that thing just cracked me up. I'm like, wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> And I don't know if you know this. I'm a political geek, and I'm trying to watch no, the damn. Really? Conve- I'm trying to watch the convention coverage, and I'm trying to read. And I bought a Wii. Robert. Oh no! I thought you had forgotten about it. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I bought a Nintendo Wii, and I bought the Wii Fit. I drove to Canada to get the damn Wii Fit, and I have Mario Kart, which confuses the crap out of me. But I have Mario Kart. <laughs> I have the Wii. I have the Wii Fit. Look at me. I'm golfing. I'm scaring everyone in my home. I, I have all the 
of stuff going on, and Lady Chi and I are screaming at each other, and Dave wants to golf with me, and Danielle wants me to Mario Kart with her, whatever the hell I'm doing. Now, you would think my life is busy enough, but then we have dear Robert from Spellcast, who has a problem with his Wii. Robert? I don't have a problem with my Wii, thank you very much. (laughs) I'm just curious, though. It's not difficult. It's like Mario Kart. You have a wheel, you steer it. Do you have a problem with, like, driving your car? I keep Mario driving Kart, over banana peels, and like I hit a cow at one point. At least it was Ryan, a pico. I sympathize with you because when I was in RA, we had this Mario Kart marathon all night long, where it was dollar a game if you lost, and I was down like eighty bucks by the end of it. <laughs> so. I start using the Wii Fit, and each and every time, like because in Wii Fit you have to do a daily test where it weighs you and checks your balance and does has like this balance test, and you look like an idiot. And hopefully, if someone nearby is taking video, they'll hopefully not put it on YouTube so people can laugh at you. How old does it uh, say you are? This morning, I was 21. Now, how old are you in real life? I am 24. And it's like a scale. So you stand on the scale, and what it does is it makes you lean more, say, on your right foot. So if you lean on your right foot, the little bar goes down. You have to keep the bar in a certain little zone. So to keep it in the zone, you have to put that much pressure on that foot versus the other one. So it's a balance thing. I'm 20. Twenty-seven, and it told me I had the body of a 29-year-old. My mother is 57. It told her she had the body of a 77-year-old woman. My mother is not a fan of the Wii Fit. Just, yeah, yeah. Wii Fit stalks you. Like, if you don't play, it asks the other people who play, where are you and why aren't you playing the game? So you discovered there was an issue with, with the scale, as I recall. There was an issue with the scale? Yeah, like, one day I'd, like, weigh my weight, and then, like, the next day I'd be, like, two or three pounds like heavier and the next day I'm like five pounds lighter and it's like what's going on and of course come to find out that it's issues with oh you guess what you have to weigh at the same time every single day I was going to guess you were momentarily bulimic but carry on yeah <laughs> yeah I'm bulimic and then I anyway so Ironically enough, like, instead of, like, probably figuring this out on my own, like, I just happened at the time, like, a couple weeks ago to have a doctor's appointment. And I was curious. I was like, I mean, is my weight really fluctuating or is this thing a piece of, yeah, horrible weight scale thing? And I was like, because I want the most accurate reading possible. And he said, okay, well, the, the best thing for you to do is, like, like, when you wake up, like, if you wake up at the same time every single day, just wake up. When you're naked, go and get on the Wii Fit and or get on the scale and weigh yourself every single day at the same time. While you're so I was like, yes, naked. My, my doctor suggested checking my weight naked. I was a little disturbed by that. I mean, but it's okay because um, I mean, where's the Wii Fit in your house? It's in the, it's in the weight room. So I mean, it's it's in a, in a room that's like not anybody's really going to traverse at five o'clock in the morning. So it's not just in the family the- room with the glass windows on all sides. All right. At first, I was like, yeah, right. I'm not going to do this. But then I was like, you know, I really do want the most accurate reading possible. So so I do it in the morning, and just in case if someone just happens to wake up and just like randomly walk into the weight room, I want to make sure that they don't. <laughs> walk in on me uh, testing on Wii Fit naked because that'd be disturbing. So I, I wrote up like a, a sign that says naked guy playing Wii Fit do not enter. And <laughs> you can't buy those in stores. They don't, come, they don't already make oh, them. Okay. 
but no one has noticed because, I mean, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. No one's going to get up, and it's kind of on the other side of the house anyway. But randomly, my parents and my brother found the morning we fit sign. And yes, much uh, it, a lot of issues ensued thereafter because they were afraid that I was actually doing, like, all of the games. All of- <laughs> You're running in place, like, <laughs> boxing while naked. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, no. You're no. bowling. <laughs> Nine holes of golf. No, not doing Wii Sports naked, Ryan. I not. That's not my thing. I don't know what you do. I am by no means a golfer, but I think I'm a golfer, and I make up like names of clubs that don't exist, and, um, and I like give people advice, and I have no freaking clue what in the world I'm talking about. Every time I hit the ball into the bunker, I scream at the top of my lungs, "Get the chipper!" Because I call the club that I get use when my ball goes in the sand trap the chipper. Like I don't. It's not called the chipper. I don't know what it's called. But Sandwich. I just make it. Whatever. Yeah, I'm the wedge. I just make a complete ass of myself. And then you have Danielle who does it, who does like the topographical analysis. And she's like, I have to go left 42 degrees or I'm not going to get up the hill. And I'm like, get the chipper. So like, literally we're, it is like the worst case of, we're very fun when we play in our Wii Fit. I think you definitely need to pick up Wii Sports Resort, that which comes out next year, because I think it'd be hilarious. I mean, the next time Jen visits to see Ryan and Jed sword fight. Is that <laughs> actually fighting <laughs> Whoa, someone got excited. What just happened here? Something's wrong. What just happened? We're right? I'm, I'm fine. Who's Somebody die? Mike. Mike? Mike? It's got to be Mike. 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 Mike has just collapsed in his chair. <laughs> Did he, like, roll down a flight of stairs on the way? <laughs> I think it was... Is he gone? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <he's> gone. <laughs> What's Wii Sports uh, Resort? What's going to be in that sword fighting? Uh, pretty much Wii Sports Resort is the new Nintendo offering of the Wii Sports series. Now, Wii Sports Re- <laughs> What are you reading? He's in this commercial <laughs> place right I'm now. I'm a commercial place, but I'm, actually, I'm not reading <laughs> you know anything, right? Talk really fast like you're trying to get like, the little points. Oh, I can't. Game. Oh, I hate talking fast. No, pretty much Wii Sports Resort is a game where you get to do great resort beach games, such as tossing Frisbee on the beach, going riding on a wave runner and sword fighting. And on behalf of everyone, I'd just like to say my hand. Because sword fighting, <laughs> I know when I go to the beach, I just they love just... doing kendo. Fighting, beach, what? We should bring in like a guest mic or something. Don't pretend to mic. We should bring PS and PS. We've heard you love this I, mic. I hate it. Ooh, ooh, you know what it was? I wonder if... It was the cockroach. It was the cockroach. I wonder if the cockroach... (laughs) If the cockroach escaped, before the exterminator got there, it could come back, hide somewhere he couldn't see it, and lie in wait for him. I can just see Mike sitting at his desk, and suddenly the the cockroach uh, comes comes out onto the desk, and he, like, dives under the table. He only stayed in the other room for 33 days the last time. Zorb, these are, uh, this is Ryan of Potterfic Weekly. I know you're probably at least familiar with his name. I'm very concerned about- there are people out there who know my name. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Well, we appreciate you jumping in tonight, Zorb. Uh, what actually happened on our end, <laughs> Mike has actually come back. We're going to put him back in the call. Okay. Mike, did the cockroach get you? Uh, no. What actually happened? Uh, did we get a new person while I was gone? Like, or yeah, we yeah. We, we, we actually yeah. replaced you. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, oh crap, Mike's dead. Um, duh, Mike, duh, Mike. Duh. All right, new hire. Yeah, the back legs of my table. <laughs> 
And then I don't, I don't know what you heard. Everything on the table went sliding off, and it was our book. I'm holding like the edge of my end. I'm like gripping it, and I can feel it. Come my, my computer's sliding down the table slowly. I'm like watching it. I can't lunge for it, so I lunge. Like the whole table's gonna fall too. And then my, and then I, my computer goes flying off the table. I took like four tries to restart it because something's up with it now. It's amazing, like a random clanging noise. I don't know what you guys heard. It sounds like you got hit by a car. And then you just replaced it, you know. Yeah, we replaced it. We're glad you're back, Mike. Thank you. I have the new Harry Potter game on Wii, so I've actually explored all of Hogwarts, and it's an exhausting game. I got beat up by Crab and Goyle. Every time I try and expel the arm of someone, it, like, fixes the broken statue next to them, and it's fine. <laughs> the only spell I got to work was when Guardian Leviosa, and I hit Hermione over the head of the bench. I don't I, I was, <laughs> was a little unexact. And when the game starts, I have no earthly idea what to do with my wand, which in and of itself is a great line. I should put that in there. <laughs> Robert, um, when he... When he plays with his way, he's always naked. He makes a point of it. It's, a little, it's like his little, like oh, little spellcast uniform. Well, he podcasts naked all the time, so... I never podcast yeah. naked. The things you learn. It's like the podcast we had where one of our hosts was in the bathroom for half the podcast. I'm like, are you kidding me? I won't tell you which one. Was it Jen? It's kind of odd. Now you're going to Skype me who that was, Ryan. <laughs> oh, you can guess who it was. You can I guess can guess, but I don't know if I'm right. Well, you're right. Point too. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I loved this scene with Harry in the kitchen just before the wedding. What if I'm a terrible husband, Harry finally said. Won't be. What if I die young? Try not to. What if I go broke? You'll make a charming panhandler. What if our kids turn out to be horrible monsters? Two words, boarding school. What if she falls in love with someone else? You're a wizard. Turn him into a tree frog. What if I never amount to anything? Too late. What if I... Sirius cuts him off. Harry, try and relax. But Sirius, Harry stopped his pacing and blinked at his godfather. What if I come down with erectile dysfunction? You can do so much with your life and the things you get remembered for. We can, you know, all of the things we've done on this podcast, we founded Harry Potter, the erectile dysfunction. I don't know. <laughs> um, can I blame that on Jen? Was that me or was that Jen? Can I blame I'm pretty sure that was, that was Phil. I was Phil. That was Phil. I brought up ED and Phil brought up Patricia. Mike got dropped from the chat, by the way. Did he fall down again? The entire early part of the Order of the Phoenix game is basically Sirius teaching you common spells. There's a point where he's like, Wingardium Leviosa, the lifted up spell, or whatever. I'm like, oh my god, he's about to teach Harry how to do Pagrifidus. Like a bitch. It was the damn erectile dysfunction problem. This Hermione, like, unlike, I don't know, like, the lioness Hermione, say, or whatever Hermione, Ugh. she's not annoying. She's not sort of, like, the all-knowing, all-powerful, despite being the Chancellor. I don't know. She seemed more human to this to me in this fic than she does in a lot of other fics I've read. I'm just laughing on the inside right now because on that computer game I got on the uh, Order of the Phoenix game, there was a point where apparently I was supposed to go meet Fred and George in the entryway or whatever, and helpfully in the game, if you forget to do something, Hermione will remind mind you. <laughs> At this point, I didn't want to go there, so I was doing something else. So Hermione kept reminding you, regardless. Every six seconds. Just and like now that. you know what it's like to be Harry and Ron and Harry and work. Every six seconds. This is exactly what it was like. We need to go meet Fred and George in the entryway. We need to go meet Fred and George in the entryway. We need to go meet Je- Fred. It was like the worst ringtone ever. <laughs> 
and it just kept repeating over and over and over and over. And I actually tried to Cruciatus Hermione just to shut her up, and it wouldn't work. And I'm trying to, like, look. And I kept hitting her with a desk, hoping I could, like, knock her out or something. Because McGonagall got bullshit at me, because I kept rearranging the Transfiguration classroom, and I kept, like, moving her chair. I hit McGonagall with her chair. And she docked me points and threw me out of the classroom. And then she went and talked to me. He spelled for that. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, I can piss off the characters enough. So I kept, like, whacking Hermione with the chair in the common room. (laughs) Then there's, like, the blackboard that spins. It's one of those spinning... And I kept whacking her with the blackboard. Then I tried to throw her down a flight of stairs. And what was funny, because I was reading a Harry Hermione fic at the time. So I'm like, this is really... I'm like, it's like the best of times. It's the worst of times. You shut her up, at least? No, no. I finally just went to meet Fred and George. I just couldn't take it anymore. Well, I really like this game because there's absolutely no chance you can lose at it. You can't die in this game, apparently, which is helpful for me because I'm the worst gamer ever. And I'm like, what button do I press? I'm like looking at it like I'm 80. Have you you beaten it yet, Ryan? I'm trying to find Luna's clothes at the moment. You're past the battle of the ministry and everything then, aren't you? Is it possible to lose to Voldemort at the ministry? I think it is possible to lose, but I don't think that uh, you you know that, that matters. I think you still win if you lose. And then finding Luna's clothes is kind of like an epilogue quest. <laughs> Everyone's running out to buy the game now. They're like, why? Where are her, where, why isn't she ever clothes with her? Now that you've listened to Potterfic Weekly, go to GameStop.com and pick up Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix used only for 24 I was trying to figure out how spellcasts the forge stay in the air every week, and now I know it's the endorsements. So my mother got uh, her newest husband. <laughs> her newest husband? Yeah, the, the most recent one. She has them one at a time, though, right? Oh, yeah, she has them one. No Mormons. <laughs> Collect all four. All right. Um, <laughs> The only thing we know about Mike's mother so far, by the way, is that she blew her eyebrows off her face in a freak grilling accident. That's the only thing we know about Mike's mother. No, it was his birthday. That's what it was. And she invited all the guests to the restaurants and made them think that he was going to be eating and it's kind of like a big gathering for his birthday. But really what she did is she rented the kitchen out so there were no chefs there. When they got there, she made them go into the kitchen and start cooking. So if the person was like, he cooks in the kitchen for the guests for his birthday instead of being with them. And that was a nice thing, or was that like... (laughs) Well, if you're into cooking, it's a nice thing to get like the whole restaurant to yourself. So let me get this straight. So on Danielle's next birthday, you can be like, surprise, honey, you get to cook for us. <laughs> oh, yeah, but what it was, it was like, oh, it's a show of hands. Who in this podcast is married? The restaurant, your family's <laughs> coming to the restaurant, and you get to the restaurant thinking you're going to eat dinner, and you're put in the kitchen. You get to make dinner for everyone else. When you were looking like a, forward to a nice night off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the worst idea yeah. ever. Or maybe not. Mike's like, go to Jamaica on your honeymoon. I'm, I'm broadcasting live from Hurricane Bob. I'm like, damn you! <laughs> <laughs> fic that, that didn't involve a cannon ship. So it, it really broadened my horizons as far as fan fiction goes. And we apparently lost Mike. Yeah, with that, I'm definitely glad we covered this fic. And um, I will never picture sex really the same way again after reading this fic and my wedding sex in this fic go off yeah hopefully my wedding will go off without a hitch and you know my evil ex-girlfriend will not try and blow up the wedding hall and and your wedding night lasts at least three hours
<laughs> yeah. I have yeah. to tell you, after reading this fic, I'm going to just feel inadequate. Depressed. <laughs> the re- yeah, thank you for that. It's Harry Potter. You know, he's, he's, he's super in all ways. So, yeah, yeah. He's Harry Potter. Come <laughs> on. Am I the only one, though, that as I'm reading this, and I'm reading about Albus flirting and all that, that I'm thinking of the old Dumbledore in my head, like the 150-year-old man as I'm reading this? Even though I know he's not, but that's the image that kept popping into my head. Is that the only one? Maybe if you're weird. No, I didn't think of the old Albus when I was reading this. This is the first pic I read where he's young. So it's kind of like my mental image of him is still old. It's like I'd be reading it and suddenly like he, he turned old in my head in the middle of like him flirting with uh, Grindelwald. There'd be like this 150-year-old man in my head. I guess that was mm, only me, How did me, you though. picture Grindelwald? I might not have a problem picturing young because we didn't really see him in the books as an old man much. You know what I mean? Like, like I didn't have like this sort of preset image of him in my head the way I did of Dumbledore. Yeah. Ah, maybe it was just. Yeah, it was just you. I'm gonna have to find you. I'm gonna have to find you some hot fan art. Well, yeah. Right yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and the bits about about Aberforth and the goats. There were some of barn them. time. Yeah, it's barn I time. In my notes, I tried to do Gen two style notes this time, though it didn't really work out. I have two words: barn time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then I highlighted the I highlighted the sentences. I don't really think it's wise to hold Aberforth up as an example of carnal propriety, unless Papa is really keen on having. A starter for a grandchild. <laughs> Hi, I'm Melinda. You want to get a bagel? It's not a Melinda Leo fic if Harry is not totally wasted in the Gryffindor common room. Seventh Horcrux and, and Deathly Hallows are interchangeable to me because I cannot remember what the hell. I remember Ginny didn't go on the Horcrux hunt after that. I'm fuzzy. <laughs> I just have to point out here, too, Melinda gave Harry his first erection in these first 19 chapters. I just want to highlight that. <laughs> It was the scene where Harry was staring at Ginny, and he's like, and he had to readjust his shorts. Oh, <laughs> like, that, like, oh my god, that was great. And welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Chi. This is Rena. I'm Jen. I'm Keza. Keza got stepped on. Keza, say hello. Hello. <laughs> I just realized I'm going to be 21 at your wedding. Houston, we have a problem. Oh, God. <laughs> Lord, help us all. Oh, God. This is what happened with the boat. This is what happened right before the boat. <laughs> we covered yeah. Melinda. Seventh Horcrux. There's the infamous boat episode. That's right. There was Jen. There was she. It was too late. There were boats involved. <laughs> She'll slowly pick up a spoon and tap it very, like, maniacally <laughs> against the glass. Hello. I'm Lady Chi. And everyone will be like, what is she? Like, Like, is she royalty? Lady Chi? I've never heard that before. And then what will literally happen is you'll see Melinda on one side and Tina on the other slowly creeping up behind. It'll be, it'll be sister. I love this. Like, I want to get married today just to see what will happen. We are revisiting Melinda Leo. We are returning to Melinda Leo. Now, I just because the say, boat did not get made fun of enough the first time. Yes. We're coming back. Well, the, <laughs> I don't think there's not even a boat. In oh, this yes, there is. Yes, there is. Since we've done this whole thing, I've gotten to know Melinda. We, we talk all the time and I had dinner with a very lovely woman, you know, great family. She's like June Cleaver. A little bit, not really, but kind of like, well, not really, but whatever. So poor Melinda, she gets our podcast, and after listening to, I think, the first couple of episodes, she started drinking heavily in the mornings. Melinda passes herself off as the ultimate Harry lover. Not my Harry, damn it. I will attack you with pots and pans if you try and get to him. And I have to tell you, 
reading these stories, I think it's all a front. Because Melinda is one of those people that she loves the character of Harry, but the best Harry that she can write is abused Harry. It's, it's like, literally, like, this kid has everything in the world happen to him in her stories. <laughs> it gets worse and worse and worse for him, and then, like, he loses his wallet, and then, like, he bends, he finds his wallet, he bends over to pick it up, and he gets run over by a car. Like, everything happens to this poor kid. And then in public, she's like, oh, not my Harry. You must treat my Harry well. And I'm, like, gripping the edge of my chair, like, Melinda. You know what I did recently? I was mocking her about that, saying how she says she protects Harry, and then she goes and does all this stuff to him and said, I would never do that. Then I put out in the next chapter, and she's like, you had him attacked, and he fell down the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like like the only person who I think has been meaner to Harry has been Aspen in the sunlight, and she poked his eyes out and, like, stabbed him with needles. Honestly, yeah, she's my beta. That's why I can't finish my story. I'm so scared of her. (laughs) Shut up. She reviewed my pick, and Melinda had to talk me back into writing it again. I'm like, I can't write this anymore. I'm a terrible author. And Melinda was like, no, no, you have to keep going. Melinda wrote something, and I, 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 she definitely didn't ask me to be. I definitely, like, I was like, send it to me now, damn it. So she sent me the chapter of what she was writing. And I'm reading it, and I'm keeping in my mind, okay, we can't have a repeat of the boat. We can't have a repeat of the boat. We can't have a repeat of the boat. And I really, really, really liked what she wrote, and there was one one scene where I think she kind of buried her lead. Like, there was a really powerful moment, and I felt like she buried it. So I'm like, why don't you just separate that and make that, like, a little bit more, um, like, put, like, a little beat in there so you stop. And she did it. And she did everything I said she should do, and I thought it was really good. And, the, and there was one problem. There was one comma that she put in there. And I'm like, oh, I don't think you need that comma, because I think if you have the comma and it changes the meaning of the sentence and it made me scratch my head and it kind of took away from the power, why don't you take the comma out? You know, she's done everything I suggested. Every This is why I can't be a beta. Everything I suggested. I'm like, okay. And I read her next draft of it, and the comma was still in there. And I'm like, I'm like oh, maybe you didn't get my message about the comma. She's like, no, I did. I, I, I want to keep the comma in. I'm like, oh, okay. And I just kind of sit there. I'm staring at her. I'm like, why would that be? <laughs> it's like, we can't. I'm like, no, this isn't going to. I'm like, poor Melinda's like ripping her. So I sent her a thing later. I'm like, if you'd ever like me to read your stuff, feel free if you have any hair left that you haven't pulled out of your head. Like, I feel, I have to feel like Perfect Weekly is destroying this poor woman's life. And she's so nice and so normal. And I think I actually tried to take the comma out and she put it back in. Like, we're like fighting over this goddamn comma. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. I, you know what? I never, I, commas are so blah, 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 blah. The problem with Kez's commas, though, is that she has these massive long sentences and she uses tons of tons of conjunctions. I know. And, that she, and if she doesn't use commas, then she has all these ideas that aren't set aside. And then all these ideas. I'm Australian. We just talk and talk and talk and we run everything together and we talk very fast and that's how we talk. So that's how I write. That's how I do it. See? Oh, my God. That was all. Oh, my God. Hold on. Hold on. Let's drive the ship back. Why are we talking about commas? One of the things that Melinda likes about MyFic, which sounds like I'm plugging mine, but whatever, she likes the angst at it. At the beginning, when he was getting over the the battle at Hogwarts, because it's post-DH MyFic, and I often hear her complain in in reviews. She reviews MyFic and she'll say, I love how you did this because Joe didn't give it enough justice. And so one of the things that she has is that Harry didn't get enough healing time after Order of the Phoenix, and you can really see in The Power of Emotion how she's actually writes about how Harry must be feeling and all his grieving and his healing over Sirius because she thinks that that was really shortchanged in the canon. And the other thing is 
with the Hermione thing, she can't stand Hermione, actually, which I actually find quite amusing. And you can, I know, I'm reading this, I'm like, yeah, I remember Hermione being this like bitchy. Hermione. Again. She yeah. is, she is. Well, see, I Very just wrote funny. a chapter where Hermione was a bit insensitive to what Harry was going through, and she was being a bit too matter-of-fact and carrying on. And so Melinda's review is like, yeah, that was just the characterization was spot on because Hermione doesn't think about anyone but herself. And I'm like, ooh. <laughs> and then I'm rereading the power of emotion. I'm like, oh, look at that. It's right there in her own fit. Ron is all for the Harry Ginny ship. You know, he, he's a Harry Ginny ship, Ron is. Well, that would be <laughs> great if Ron had a T-shirt maybe that he would wear during the beginning of Half-Blood Prince that said, I ship Harry Ginny. And just like, <laughs> and just carry it around. And no I one knew see. what it meant. I can see a manipulation. Like Hedwig? <laughs> moment. Hey, now, you say something, someone's going to make you an icon or something for it. Can you imagine after, you know, her zen is is Ginny reading Half-Blood Prince and he dumps her? You've reached the private office of J.K. Rowling. To hear your options in English, please press 1 now. If you're calling regarding the fog typo in Chapter 1, please hang up at this time. If you're calling to request a complimentary and advanced copy of Book 7, please press 1 now. If you'd like J.K. Rowling to take you out to dinner, please press 2 now. If you'd like to know whether Snape is good or evil, please press 3 now. If you'd like J.K. Rowling to pay your income taxes for you for the rest of your life, please press 4 now. If you're calling to discuss the moment in Chapter 30 when that noble, self-sacrificing prick that you customarily love so much dumps the best thing that ever happened to him so she can no longer tell him to pull his head out of his goddamn ass, please press 5 now. And she's like, oh, I have to fix this! I have to fix this! Does anyone know this, the fact that, like sparring siblings, Keza and I are going five rounds over who Melinda likes the best? Oh. <laughs> anyone knows that? Because if you notice in the beginning of the podcast, I'm like, well, I don't know if anyone knows this, but I actually had dinner with Melinda Leo. We talked about things that I can't share with any of you, but I know them, and we had a long discussion, and you know what? We had follow-up discussions to see if we changed our minds. And Keza's like, Ryan, that's very exciting, but I need to cut in here for a minute. Melinda Leo reviewed my fic the other day, <laughs> Revealing Life by Kezabear, K-E-Z-Z-A. <laughs> and I'm not sure it's found in Sigurd. And, and here's some of the things she, Melinda Leo loved about my fic, my fic, Kezabear, Rebuilding Life, L-I-F. You should have been it the first time she reviewed it. I was like having heart palpitations. I thought she was going to die. Melinda Leo podcasted on my fic. <laughs> and she made a fake joke and right Melinda Leo <laughs> Melinda Leo sends me private emails and begs me for my fic. Oh. Melinda oh. Leo sends me emails every couple of days asking how my day was the day before and then shares with me her and every other member of her mailing list her daily schedule. <laughs> I'm going to get physical therapy on the old arm. Be back at three. <laughs> like she sends it to fourteen thousand people, but I'm like, I'll be there when your email comes in. I just was yeah, very no. amused by the fact that Keza was doing exactly what I was doing. So I, was <laughs> I wasn't doing it on purpose. My point is because I look at things in the thick, and I I can relate it back to what she's written because she said that somewhere else. We've just spent three hours calling her and goddess. Yeah, we've been fangirling her for three hours. But it's okay. Okay. 
fangirling is a little strong, okay? I don't want to say that I've been fangirling Melinda Leo. Because I've been fangirling. I would consider what? I would consider, no, I would consider Melinda Leo a peer. Snap. Oh, Ego just made it. It made it. Jesse and I are actually plotting ways to assassinate you. So Melinda will tell us, I am more proud of you, Keza, than Ryan, because Keza had the better assassination. Jen 2 pipes in and says, she has been fangirling Melinda. When I was younger, when I was a young author, younger author, and Melinda Leo was writing, she, I mean, I was, I, shut up. I was very, uh... I never needed anybody. Now it stays to God. Oh, no. Sorry, carry on. Keza, you agree with that whole thing I just said, right? Yes. It doesn't even matter what it is. It's just the fact that you're just giving blanket consent to agree with Ryan on anything he just said. (laughs) Melinda Leo likes me best. Yes! I actually usually agree with Ryan on most things. It's exciting to read her work because it's it's good and it's exciting. She takes so many elements from canon and she puts them together in such a good way. And sometimes it's in a very unique way. And sometimes, you know, she has, she's not perfect, but I think she is one of the better writers that we have. Agree. Agree. Yeah, and she likes me best. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to Politic Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Lady Chi. I'm Tessa. I'm P.S. Mike. And this is Ann Wolf. Okay, Mike, question for you. Were you, like, at the age of six, beaten by nuns with rulers in order to just chant your first name without any <laughs> introductory expressions? No. You know what I think it is? Is that I'm making a little hand motion while I do it, and you can't see my hand motion. What hand motion is it that you are making? The wave. Is it like your arms are, like, extended out, like Molly Weasley saying, Give me a hug! Like, is it like, Mike? you do the wave No, it's like a half-salute, half-wave to the podcast. Oh, you're saluting me! why he thought I should go to a doctor when I got stung by the bee. Because you could die if you're allergic to bees. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> For Mike, it's like a cockroach incident. I've been stung by bees before. Is this like, do people not get stung by bees? How frequently are you stung by bees, P.S.? I've been stung by a bee like twice in my life. Okay, it's not like a weekly thing. It's not like... I didn't go to a doctor the one time the bee stung me on my scalp. I have to just say this stung, to you. Even yeah. when the bee was inside my mouth. I had a what? Bee my- what the hell was... Th- you know what? Because oh, they tell no, I was like no. ten, and they tell you whatever you do, don't move and don't anger the bee, and it won't sting you. So I freeze and I go absolutely still, and it goes in my mouth, and it's like flying I wasn't around. I and it landed on me and stung me. I was just being. <laughs> it was mailed. in your mail. No, it wasn't. It flew up while I was reading my mail. Well, that's what you get for reading your mail outdoors. Uh, I was stung by a bee when I was about five. To this day, I will not wear flip flops outdoors. Good for you. <laughs> Mike, do not encourage this behavior. This behavior, huh? Oh, that was awful. I just have to say that Anne just made the second worst joke in the history of Parfic Weekly right there with the behavior remark. <laughs> the worst joke in the history of Parfic Weekly was said by P.S. It was during the Shoebox series, and all the Marauders are in class, or I believe, and they're writing these really, you know, crude 16-year-old boy jokes to each other. No, it was Valentine's. It was Valentine's. Valentine's. The, the one in the fic was roses are red, violets are blue. Okay, if you were a door, door, I would slam you. And you're like, uh, <laughs> like a Dumbledore? And I'm like, oh. Because <laughs> where's the picture? I mean, I would totally slam that Dumbledore. Okay, you realize, sweetie, that he's like flaming. Like, Who like, cares? 
Oh, suit and high heels flaming. What are we talking about? Can I say this? I was hoping for a non-controversial episode of Pofwa. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I was hoping for a non-controversial episode. Did you change your icon when I got sung by the bee? Yes, yes, I changed it just for you, actually, because... Well, there's nothing better than David Tennant and insects, really. Did you say David Tennant and incest? No, I'm terrified of David Tennant. No, I'm sorry, I'm talking over P.S. P.S. got stung by a bee and she wants to slam Dumbledore. And Mike is here, he hasn't done anything yet, but it's still early in the podcast, let's give him time. And we have Keza, who's calling us live from Australia. Keza, how's the connection? It's good now. I moved the laptop, and don't let me touch it. If I try and touch my laptop, say stop! Well, Keza is actually from the future. If you hear Keza scream, oh my god, it's the nuke, we're all screwed within a 20 minutes. Keza, was my French test really hard? Did I get my chapter yes. done tonight? It was Yes, it was. I am your magic eight ball. Oh, yes. God. Keza, who will win the presidential election? Obama. You know, P.S. and I, we're tight. We're, we're as tight as people can be who have never met each other, who don't know what each other looks like. So I get a message from, from P.S. Now, all you need to know about P.S. is that she is obsessed with Horace Slughorn. I think that if you, if you, if you consider that fact and you kind of just go out from there, you can pretty much capture the spirit of our P.S. So P.S. sends me a message the other night. Can you keep a secret? <laughs> yeah. No, he can't. No, he can't. Let me answer well, that question. No, he can't because well, he told someone. Why? 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 Why would they do this? So she's like, I have to tell you something. Can you keep a secret? I'm like, uh huh. So then I'm trying to guess what kind of secret P.S. would have, <laughs> and I made—I actually made a short list. P.S. Would you care to? do the honors or would you I, I'm kind of curious to know what you thought it might be for one thing I thought you were going to tell me that you were a man and you were talking through some type of voice synthesizer this entire time you would yes. be a fabulous game MPS well it would make I mean, the slamming of Dumbledore so much simpler then I was going down the list. I'm like, okay, we've never seen you. So then I thought you were going to come out and, like, pull a friends and tell me, like, you had a third nipple. I did <laughs> that you were considering, you know, shaving off all of your hair, but you thought you looked like the woman from Star Trek 1. Get a boob job because you ha- had some extra money. Like, I'm trying. I'm like, what the hell could she possibly? She was going to go on a space shuttle mission. And what she told me shocked me more than any of these. I was lowballing it. P.S.? On Saturday, September 13th, just compose at yourself. I don't want you 11:21 p.m. Uh-huh. I fell madly and madly, so madly in love, you won't even believe it, with Harry what? Ginny. <laughs> yes, has converted fully to the dark side. <laughs> please say that again. Please, yes. P.S. Back up, please. Yeah, on gee, 11, I can't 20... keep secrets, right? <laughs> on September 13th at 11.21 p.m., and I did, I made a note of this. First okay. half of my life ended and the second half began. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> all over my computer. proud of it. This fic converted me fully and unequivocal. Now, I have to explain to, to, to Chi over here, who doubts my ability to keep a secret. Hold on, my cousin. What? Yeah. I didn't hear what she said. <laughs> what fic were you reading? Oh, P.O.E. Oh, okay. Good. Why? Does it, does, does it seem like... Are you saying that Melinda Leo doesn't have the chops to convert P.S. over to the Harry Ginny fandom? She could have been reading anything. <laughs> P.S. has oh. left me alone on the non-Harry Ginny side now.
It's only a matter of time. I'm going to convert you. I'm going to convert you. Oh, my God. Hold on. Wait. Hold the freaking phone here, as Dear Lady She would say. You were not only a Harry Jimmy fan, you were like a Jehovah's Witness. Jimmy now? Oh, my God. Like, yes, and I just go door to door. She's you know what? We could trash Melinda wall to wall right now. I still think she'd come out ahead in this podcast. <laughs> Can I just tell you what actually happened was Melinda, Melinda gets kind of nervous. And when she gets nervous, her blood pressure is disrupted and she has to go have some orange juice. Remember the time I made her read hardcore porn on the podcast? Kind of like that. Harry, I want you <laughs> she asked me how the first podcast went. I said, oh, it went very well. She's like, oh, thank God. Because you all remember Melinda and she and Jen in the boat. I mean, in the crying. Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, but I'm not trying to be uncritical. We had some problems last So she was a little nervous. I'm like, oh, you know, I hope you don't mind. I did touch on your alcohol problem. Is that about what? <laughs> well, I told them that you're a raging alcoholic. Oh. oh, all right. And I mentioned the fact that you were entirely hypocritical about loving Harry. I, 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 I told everyone that you really didn't love him because really, why would you torture him so much? You, you, you told them that. And I'm a raging alcoholic. I'm like, yeah, because you know, ever since you met me, I've driven you to drink. With all. She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm remembering that right now. So she was a little nervous. So then I told her, Melinda, you're never gonna believe this. We have a shocking surprise for the second episode, and I think she thought I had pictures of her. <laughs> and Melinda went into like a diabetic coma. I'm like, no, 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 really? P.S. just got converted. <laughs> to I have because... to send her a message. I have to send her a message. Because poor Melinda was about to jump off of the boat. So P.S. is a Jehovah's Witness. Poor Harry Jenny. P.S. I have to say, it's about damn time. Ann Walsh, author of the Danger of Her series, as a result of P.S.'s conversion to being a Jehovah's Witness inhaled an entire cup full of tea which is now trapped in her nasal passages so Anne will be with us uh, very shortly now P.S. what were you reading exactly at 11.21pm that converted you so strongly to the dark side I was reading Power of Emotion I know that what in Power of Emotion what so specifically? I know what part it was. I forget what chapter it's in. Oh my, this is so bad because I should have, I should have, I should have bronzed these passages. It is the part. Yes. It is the part where they have a little spat. <laughs> and, 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 and the part where they, they come back together uh-huh. and they've been yelling at each other and then they start kissing. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's what got you so excited. Are you serious? Because that's in a lot of fix. It must have been very cool. <laughs> All right. Now, P.S., let me just say this. Let me just say this. Like, I feel so happy for you. I would come over and hug you right now, but there's bees flying in circles around your house. So you oh, yeah. Don't, don't, don't come. There's bees. I'm not going to do that. So... So I'm very I'm I'm very happy and we're gonna look for a great deal of input from you over the course of this podcast. Okay. Uh, there you go. So I believe that is all we have <laughs> uh, does not believe me. Don't lie to me. Keza, tell Gen 2 we're gonna pull her onto the line for a moment. We're gonna pull her onto the line. <laughs> we're gonna tell her to get her mic hooked up. We're gonna pull her onto the line, we're gonna hear it right from the mouth of PS. Now can I just tell you too, Melinda and I are having a bit of an off week. Melinda and I have been fighting all week, wall to wall, fighting. Melinda, Ryan, it's like a Hufflepuff death match in there. It's very uncomfortable. Because here's what happened. Dan Radcliffe apparently at age 16 lost his virginity to an older woman. 
Now, as one of the dear members of Melinda's mailing list said, she was 23. It's not like she was Julie Wathers. So now I can't get Molly, Harry, on my head. So I'm very upset with uh, Peter from the Melinda Leo mailing list. Right. Melinda was very, you know, this is her Harry. Her Harry that she would never let anything bad happen to. Her Harry. And she was, you know, she was having, understandably, she's a mom. She has boys. So she was having a little bit of issue with that. So I decided to be helpful. So I'm like, well, Melinda, person who would never be hypocritical in what she says, please point out the problem. Dan Radcliffe having sex at 16, bad. You having Harry lose his virginity in the seventh Horcrux at 17, good. All right. Now, you know those scenes where Molly Weasley loses her mind? <laughs> and you think Melinda writes them really well? It's from personal experience. Melinda, I love every minute of power of emotion. I have nothing further. Do we have uh, Do we have Gen 2? Hello. Gen 2, welcome Hi. to Potterfic Weekly. Ryan, hello. Please have a seat. We have some startling news for you. It's true. She's in love. It's Listen true. to her. I, this is like, P, I've never heard PS like this. This is fascinating. Maybe that's my arm. <laughs> 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 okay, wait, wait yes, a minute. You tell her what you told us. Oh, wait a, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me paraphrase what I just read on yes, my. Everyone else, back down. This is P.S. and Gen Two. This is their moment. Everyone else, back off. <laughs> I just need to tell you all what I just read on my Skype from Keza because I feel like I am living in the twilight zone. I'm eating some ice cream. I'm having a nice, quiet evening. I'm reading me some Curse of the Damned. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm reading some, I'm reading me some Harry and Jenny snogging in the Quidditch <laughs> tent. Kezasis. Serious. Check my Skype message. She's converted. And so I type in. WTF, I shall never believe it. Kez's message says, P.S. is a HG shipper. I think I just peed my pants. <laughs> Some of you may not know P.S. or you know P.S. from the podcast. You may be driving in your car saying, why is this a big deal? I'm, tr- I'm trying to, this is like converting Julia to atheism. This is, this is, this is a huge, like, I can't, can we, this is huge. This is like someone saying, P.S. just turned water into wine. P.S. just flew with her own arms. And she's like, she was reading Power of Emotion, and now she's a rabid HG shipper out to convert. So I'm sitting here, I'm incredulous, and I'm like, what the f***? She's like, and he's now talking about Dan Radcliffe's losing his virginity, and I'm still going, I don't believe it. <laughs> no, he did. He really did. No, he really did. It was in this article that we all missed. Melinda found it. I'm still confused because I'm just like, okay, P.S. is shipping Harry and Ginny. And I'm like, are you podcasting? <laughs> Indeed, I'm podcasting. I'm like, whoa, baby. Two weeks in a row. I'm still confused. I'm trying. My neurons are trying to fire together. I'm like, righteous, dude. Somebody's been watching a little too much J.I.J. Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Because, I mean, you all just don't understand because, you know, PSP on cast with me, like, every week. So I'm sitting here and I'm, like, feeling very <sighs> distressed because we've had a lot of, like, HG, like, like, PS has, like, said to me, I don't care if Harry and Jenny, you know, like, fell off a cliff and, like, freaking died. Did I ever say such a thing? Maybe not. not even try to lie. These people remember things that you said in the heat of the moment. <laughs> 
They catalog him. <laughs> they bring it up like it's like it's like talking to your wife. They she is very upset about the dumb thing. I just know that in the final version, there's gonna be like there's gonna be like a montage of all the times that I was ever recorded saying how much I hate that. It's gonna be like <laughs> meet the press. We're gonna put something up on the board that you said. Who was it that drew like big damn anvil? Was it Marta? I think so. I can see it in my head already. All the times that P.S. said something bad about Harry and Jenny. <laughs> That's why I have to convert people, because I have to make up for all this bad karma. She's like a Jehovah's Witness over here. I just need P.S. to tell me. Tell me how it happened. I need to, I need to, I just, I need to know how it happened. I was reading Power of Emotion. And the whole way through, I knew I really liked the thick. Now, I really liked Seventh Horcrux, but I didn't like the ship. And I really liked Coven of Echoes, but I didn't like the ship. And as I was reading this, I really liked the thick. And I didn't like the ship. And then, as they just gradually got together and kissed and went to the ball, and then it was the part where they had a little fight, and then they made up, and I felt something click inside of me, and the second half of my life began. She really does love them! (laughs) (laughs) does! I told you! Oh, Pia. Look at her. She's giddy. This is like a first love situation. She's like, <laughs> she thinks it's cute and they fart. This is wonderful. <laughs> to the club. Oh. Thanks, Jen. P.S. We have a fit called after the end. We'd like you to read and comment. <laughs> you just made my day. I'm so glad. You may have made my day. This past week has been wonderful. I've been looking at fan art. They're, they've been on the background of my computer. I've been reading smut. Whoa, whoa. Whoa, Harry, whoa, whoa, whoa. Harry Tinney is your desktop on your computer now? Yeah. Um, it's the illustration of the their first kiss. Oh. oh. Where's more? I want more. We have something new to play with. Look at this. Please, 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 someone make it a really cool king. Do you just want corked journal, or do you want the art? The art. The picture with the one where she's clutching at him in her room from death. I'm sorry. I love the fact that she's Australian. The art. The art. Think of it. (laughs) Ryan, you say art. This is a bitch's moment, and you're mocking my accent. (laughs) Ryan, listen to me. You say "ark" too. Does the phrase "park the car in Harvard Yard" mean anything? <laughs> well, my favorite is um, Kevin Costner from Thirteen Days. Get the newspaper. I'm like, what? What did he say? What's he want? That's my new desktop. The one of them in the bedroom. It's not the fact that you're a Harry Jenny fan. It's that you're a flaming Harry Jenny fan. <laughs> Weren't you like a Harry Luna chipper the other day, uh, P.S.? I am oh. still a Harry Luna chipper, and I still. I think I might still like Harry Luna more. Harry Luna isn't your desktop background. Who you there's, only, there's only one pair I ship, and P.S. is going to groan. I ship Janzy and Rob. I've actually Stop read Gen 2. I, I hope this has been a meaningful evening for you. It's been very <laughs> meaningful. Thank you for including me in this part of the podcast, making me a part of history for Poofla. You are very welcome. Adam, Drive safe, you. Gen 2. Bye. We're away on course. The problem is that P.S. has thrown me. The world has turned on its head, and I can no longer think straight. But you're upside down anyway. You're in Australia. (laughs)
Oh, that was worse than the Dumbledore comment. Can I just point out something here? Because I have to feel like this podcast hit a brick wall like 10 minutes ago. Mike has sent me a message over Skype saying, hold on, wait, you made up the Jen on the boat thing? I believe that. I've realized in this podcast that Ryan just lies to me nonstop, and I accept that. <laughs> There's something else earlier in this, but like he's just lying to me. I take his word on well, it. Well, you know, my, my, I don't on. really like Harry Ginny either. That was a joke, too. What? <laughs> Kez is very disappointed. Kez was not pleased. Did you hear that? She's like, I got Gen 2 on here. No, no, no. Why would I joke about something like that? I really do. <laughs> I, I was just trying to see if me cry. Keza, no. Of course I, I love I feel that. like Keza is the designated driver of this podcast. Yeah, Ryan, you're just lying to me. So what? Oh, stop it. <laughs> oh, I, I thought yeah, she was on a boat. I from a lie anyway. That, that hurts, Keza. <laughs> that hurts. So, you thought I Jen got pregnant it. on a boat? That's what they were was telling me, you included. I one got pregnant yes. on a boat. Another note on chapter 29 that I have noticed. P.S. Please explain again where it is that you became a Harry Ginny shipper. It is the part where they have kind of been having an argument yes. about Harry, like, protecting her by not being with her. And Indeed. And they kiss in the middle okay, of Okay, my fellow Buffonians, this is the chapter that turned... P.S. You make it sound as though P.S. was a gay man and then, like, had an awakening <laughs> and realized. Have you ever seen that um, clip that I've shown people of um, this comedian, this talk show that we have here called Rove, where he has Daniel Radcliffe on? This guy, Rove, he talks to guests and then he has a segment at the end. It's called 20 Bucks in 20 Seconds. And you can oh, win, as the guest, 20 Bucks in 20 Seconds if you answer questions the way that Rove likes it. So the funnier, the sillier your answer, the better. And the last question is always... Who would you turn gay for? <laughs> P.S. What would make you turn? It's chapter 29 is the answer. You get your 20 bucks. We should go around and answer words. that last question, though, that Rove always asks. Who you, who would you turn gay for? Thank I think that would be a fun discussion point. Who would I get turned gay for? Um, I'm going to answer your question, um, even though it wasn't asked. I don't know. I'll get back to you. Mike, the question is, who would you turn gay for? I'll give it some thought. How's that? I'll get back to you. My answer was Scarlett Johansson. I've seen a woman who's worth it. Of course, I haven't met a guy who's worth it yet either. I'm probably not the best person to ask. Well, see, up until this week, the answer to that question is um, Nicole Kidman. And I've said that on PNCast before. This is not a new piece of information. She's not gay, so that's problematic for us. So this week, I have, I've made a new friend at uni this, this past couple of weeks who just happens to be gay, and she is really cool, so I think it would be her. Oh, now. there you go. It could, it could work between us if I was gay, like, but I'm not. And she's married, so it wouldn't really work. Mike, if you don't Mike, answer in the next 10, ten seconds, yeah. the answer will be Horace Slughorn. <laughs> That's evil. Where's Brian answering in this? That's what I want to know. For you, Brian. I'm thinking. Nice. Give me a list of people, and I'll tell you on a scale. Like, I'll tell you if any Tom of them are going Tom Cruise. Tom, oh, God. No, he's the most annoying person on the face of the planet. David Tennant. Don't I know wouldn't, enough about I wouldn't him. I'm stay straight for David Val Tennant. Kilmer. Val Kilmer. No, no. Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe reminds me of a 32-year-old stockbroker who's had too much coffee. I don't know. Picky, picky, picky. Captain Kirk. Really? Patrick Stewart. He's the closest you've come so far, but probably Corey, no. Corey. Yeah, he's the only one. Was that a yes to Corey? 
Uh, Corey, yes, the actor, no. Does that make sense? Who the hell is Corey? Yeah, that's what I said. Because after character. the conclusion of tonight's podcast, I'm going to set you up with some fan films, all right? Yes! Lady C, who would you turn gay for? I'm always prepared for people asking me this question, and I have a list of three. Um, Lens is like, what happened to my poor podcast? Probably, okay, I've said on the podcast that I would do Meg, and I probably would. I've said on my live journal that I would turn gay for Billy Piper, and that's very true. And, oh, yeah, um, that's true for me, too. It's the lips for some reason. It's oh, like, yeah. I know. It's, the, like, it's everything. I would kill to have her butt. Speaking of Rose, Kate That's Winslet. Right. I would, I would <gasps> Kate, yeah, yes. Kate Winslet. Winslet. Yeah, Kate Winslet. Yeah. And um, also Catherine Tate. Catherine Tate, Billy Piper, and um, Meg. I am just trying to figure out where we went off the rails. <laughs> where do we always go off the rails? Welcome back to Politic Weekly. This is Ryan. This is not gay. Listen, shh. Ready? Harry was right. stunned by her words. He wasn't even sure how it happened. One minute they were standing opposite each other, screaming, and the next he had her, grabbed her upper yeah, arms her and pulled her close to kiss her passionately. her passionately. She responded she in kind, and the air was the charged air with electricity. He clung to her fiercely, as she did to him. Chapter 29, The Power of Emotion. All the other things we have discussed in this podcast pale in significance to that moment, because that is the moment that changed P.S.'s life. That is the power of fan fiction, people. That is the power. No, you know what it is? It is the power (laughs) of emotion. Which is the fic that we pretended to cover. (laughs) I think that Harry is going to need Ginny to help him realize what he has to do. After Deathly Hallows. Yeah. I think, yeah. Look at her. She's all, like, shippy. Just know that in the final version of this, there's going to be, like, there's going to be, like, a montage of all the times that I was ever recorded saying how much I hate that. <laughs> it's going to be, like, meet the press. We're going to put something up on the board that you said. Ah, uh, there it is, P.S. You bet your ass, sweet cheeks. I have cataloged and re-edited some of your best Harry, Jenny, hating moments. And I am just so proud to bring those to you tonight, just so that I can roast your ass over a hot fire and make you regret every nasty thing you ever said about my favorite couple. Everyone, please join me in showing P.S. the error of her ways. We like experimenting. You pick whatever you want. I'm going to stick it really to the HG people and for you guys for making me read that crap. All the time. Hey, don't don't include me with them. Did you pick PS? And oh, you were wait, telling you me the oh. other day, you pick what you like. If you like it, we'll do it. That's I know, I'm just teasing. That's the only one I liked. At least it wasn't fluff and... <gasps> She's dissing my fluff. <laughs> I'm not going to like it unless Jenny is a very strong-willed, independent person. That's funny. I think that too, and I've only ever listened to If she's... <laughs> point of this story. This story is about Andromeda and Taylor. Only that it's archived on the <laughs> Harry Jenny her. site. Yeah, why, where, why were you looking at Sink Into Your Eyes to find your fan fiction pics? Well, that's the only, that's where I get most of my one-shots from, and that's where my own fics are posted at. So. Mm-hmm. Are I know that's kind Favorite. of ironical. Just on, now, before we finish, I have to tell you what page said Harry's birthday, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's before the wedding. Before the wedding, after the groom. Out of your page, 99. There's the silver lining I've been looking for. 
<laughs> you hate Harry Kenny. Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm with you, Richard. I'm with you. Don't she whispered, and then she was kissing him as, as she had never kissed him before, and Harry was kissing her back, and it was blissful oblivion, better than fire whiskey. She was the only real thing in the world. I'm not listening. Jimmy, the feel of her, one hand at her back, and one of her long, sweet, smelling hair. The door bang open, and Richard and P.S. crash the party. That would have went on much further. I would have burned the party down. Outside. <laughs> Richard burned the burrow down. And yet, yeah. for your fluff romance, you chose a Harry Ginny where they nuzzle each other like a pair Wait, of whoa, whoa, unicorns. Hang on. Stop. Probably the fundamental difference between maybe both of you and I is that when you get to the stories about the characters that we hear about all the time, like Harry and Ginny, I get bored with that. Like, I am so sick of Harry and Ginny. If I never see another story about Harry, it will be too soon. <laughs> I'll wait while you have your third grade moment because I get this all the time and I'm kind of I'm kind of sick of it. Like I guess it it must be me because I honestly don't get why people don't see it. She's got the sunlit days on her computer and she's reading Harry Jenny Smut. You cannot imagine how self-satisfied I was at that moment. For all you know, I could be a 36-year-old married woman from Australia with three children. So I'm only 34. The only reason that I exist is to ensure that my brother, who is 16 months older than me, does not think that he is the centre of the universe. <laughs> I'm sitting here with a child who just made a cardboard computer so that we can sit on the computer together. Aww. 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 Cute. It's got a cat food box keyboard, a rice bubbles packet monitor, a Wiggles biscuits hard drive, and a <laughs> tiny Teddy's honey bears mouse. Oh, that is awesome. Oh, and he wants me to tell you that his mouse pad is a piece of white A4 paper. Michael, that is too cute. Hello. Hi, Michael. How are you? Good. What did you do today? Did you watch TV? Yeah, bye. Bye, Michael. Bye, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Michael. I I never left. (laughs) No, we were talking to my son. They give away land for free and, like, beg you to farm. Is it's this very... 1878? They give away land for free in western Kansas. I didn't know there were still farms. <laughs> I don't know where I thought the food came from, but I never thought that there were still farms. Do you think there were still farms? I hate cows, and they are not the docile, placid creatures that you would think that they are. <laughs> I've never seen a cow. I like are cows. You... I like are cows. You... I didn't know there were still farms. I was on the phone to the gas guy, like, trying to get an extension because I've got wickedly high bills. And I asked for the extension, and he goes, oh, hmm, 21 days overdue. Hmm, that's very overdue. Is there any reason you didn't call before? <laughs> so now I feel like I'm a naughty schoolgirl, and I'm going, uh, because I forgot. <laughs> Just like, no one has ever asked me that when I've rung up for the extension before. And Ryan's calling me, and I can hear it going, bleep, bleep. And I'm just like, ah. I rejected the call the first time. I'm like, I'm on, I'm on hold to the gas guy. I'll be a minute. And then I thought about it. I'm like, I could be forever. I'm on hold. Brilliant. I know some Australian news. I saw this. It was on the bottom of the screen the other day. They found a box of snakes or something. Did you hear about that? It said Customs in Australia discovers box of snakes. Let me look it up. Box of snakes, you say. <laughs> The passengers of a plane bound for Sydney last week have not suffered the same grim fate as those snakes on a plane. But those responsible for smuggling two green tree pythons, two royal pythons, a reticulated python and 2,000 American tarantulas into the country 
could soon be dealing with some nasty business of their own. Customs in Sydney executed search and seizure from smuggling illegal creatures in a package from the United States. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's People are trying to send us your bad snakes. Welcome back to Potter Creek Weekly, everybody. I'm Lady She. I'm P.S. Mike. And I'm Keza. Mike, seriously, you have to learn to say I'm before your name. I always see this picture of, like, Mike, like, raising his hand. That's like, what I'm doing as I say it. Are you serious? I think we had this discussion <laughs> last week. Let's start talking about um, Harry Potter and the Curse of the Dam. There was a boat in this. There was a boat in this. <laughs> Why is there a fire truck? Where? Outside. <laughs> I guess if there was a fire, the alarm would go off. <laughs> I guess if the fire truck came, if there was really a fire, they'd have hoses and stuff. My son, he's fixated on going to the beach. What? We're not going anywhere today. Go away. Melinda Leo is supposed to be this person who loves and adores Harry like her own son, right? Potterfic Weekly has tried before to break this belief because it's just not true. You read these stories and she puts the poor kid through hell. You know, she's got his uncle strangling him. He has to do extra chores. Yesterday, Ryan Skyped me in distress because in the last story, um, he just got to the part where the Death Eaters cast Reducto on Harry's knees and they lock him up for a week without food and water. It's such a bad life. <laughs> what are you doing, Chi? Like, you sound like you're going under your bed. You're like Harry, <laughs> going under the bed, lifting up the floorboards to stash your letters. <laughs> I remembered my eighth grade science that heat rises, and so I was sitting on the couch, which was nice for my bum, but like bad for my body temperature. <laughs> so I was I was moving to the floor. You're oh. had to podcast from the floor. Oh, that's that's committed. I yeah. podcast from the floor every week because it's comfortable. Where do you podcast from? Oh, that's right, collapsing tables. Whoa, someone got excited. What just happened here? What just happened? Mike. Mike? It's got to be Mike. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> you know, I had to replace the entire computer. I said I had to replace the hard drive, the motherboard, and Be the, more careful um, next time. The mouse pad. You had to replace the mouse pad? Really? I'm on that table again, too. Like. Wouldn't it be safer to podcast on the floor, Mike? I mean, you couldn't fall any further then, could you? The Death Eaters come and attack Privet Drive and Ron in. <laughs> well, he's 17, and I'm just wondering, is that really believable? Because he's old enough to go and save Harry now, too. And I'm just thinking... Let him well, go. I didn't have a problem. I understand not letting Ginny go. If I was Molly Weasley and I had 17-year-old Ron, Harry's best friend, I'd let him go. <laughs> I, don't know, I, I disagree with you. Most mothers I know who have 17, or I guess in America, 18-year-old kids would still still think of their children as being kids and would still try to shelter them. Yeah, well, see, when I was 18, I moved out of home and, and I'd been doing my own thing for at least a year before I'd left home, before I was an illegal adult. See, I have friends that were that way, but by the time we were, like, 17 or 18, we were very, very, very independent. Like, we would just go wherever we wanted to go and do whatever we wanted to do. And, like, yeah, I would tell my parents where I was going as a courtesy, but not really ever to get permission. I need a mommy. I need a mommy. I need a mommy. Right. Oh, really? This thumping is really bad. Stop typing. Sorry. I know we're boring you and you have to go off and chat. <laughs> no, I'm trying, buddies, to, I'm trying to stop. I'm trying to stop, but it's a really important conversation. Ah! I'm trying to stop. I'm not doing as much of it. I can't even think and type and talk at the same time. When I'm podcasting, regardless of whether or not I'm paying attention, I'm usually doing six other things. So, like, right now I'm podcasting... 
I have six Skype windows open and a Yahoo Messenger window open <laughs> and two stories open that I'm reading. I'm surprised you're carrying an actual, like, like, intelligent, detailed conversation on while you're reading a fic. But I do think that that scene with the polyjuice potion... What's it polyjuice? I'll tell you. Oh, more. Same difference, only not... I don't even remember what I was saying. Um... She guess. She. What is the name of Harry? It's one of the Duggars' kids. Um, I don't know. Jim Bob Severus Potter. I don't. <laughs> she. Quick test. Who was the bad guy? Oh, don't test this is me. How, this is how I test to see if she did the reading. Because then I'm like, she. Voldemort. Uh, Voldemort. Voldemort. Voldemort's the bad guy. In general. Who no. is the mole? I know, I know. I don't remember. I read this fic a month ago. <laughs> she, you're supposed to reread before the podcast. Oh, please. I'm going to read as we go. <laughs> I, spent, she, I spent my entire day today at work listening to this podcast. I get you know to what? <laughs> What's that? Ew. What, what, which chapter are we even starting on? Every fit I read, Harry swims for the first Doesn't time. Know how to swim. Sometimes he almost drowns because he can't swim. And other times, like, he'll be completely freaked out by the water. Like, he'll be like, this is the first time I've been in the water because the Dursleys never let me bathe. And he'll be like, it's all around me. It's freaky. <laughs> so I am looking in this chapter, and Harry's just nearly collided with Aberforth as I'm skimming through. Didn't they get to Aberforth's on a boat? Boat? Gee, you have anything to say? <laughs> When I'm podcasting, regardless of whether or not I'm paying attention, I'm usually doing six other things. I, I was grinning like an idiot when I realized there was a boat in this story. Uh, let's find the bit about the boat. So I, I miss Ginny learning how to drive the boat, and then suddenly she can drive the boat. Did I miss, like, the chapter that was spent on Ginny's boat lessons? Actually, driving a boat is not that hard. No, I drive this a boat when Jimmy. I was seven. She probably doesn't though. even know what a boat is. I mean, Jimmy. <laughs> I, w- I drove a boat when I was seven. I'm serious. In the Lake District in England. We hired a boat for the day. I drove it some of the time. I couldn't drive a boat, and I am and I know what a car is. I mean, like, she doesn't know what a car is. Yeah, but you're she mine. She rode a car to the Google. They drive cars all the time. Th- they have ministry cars. But she's never driven yeah. one. I bet she should drive a car. So why does she know how to drive a boat? I drove a boat when I was seven. I think 16-year-old Ginny knows how oh. to drive a boat. I'm telling you, it's not that hard. You hold onto the steering wheel, and you turn it so it goes in a straight line and doesn't hit yeah. stuff. Yeah, I can't pedal. pedal. It's a good thing Ryan's not here because I'm recalling his boat video on Facebook. <laughs> um... Dave, we're picking up speed. Um, I can't help but feel we're hugging the shore. Getting a little close. I'm going to get a rash. This is exactly how it started on Gilligan's Island. Um, <laughs> Captain's log supplemental. Dave has no control over the boat. He's in complete denial about the fact that we're in weeds. Mission outlook, doubtful. It's not so easy. <laughs> you think it's that easy because... Uh... No, I always pictured it at like a car. Like I guess it's not. There's probably. I mean, obviously there's no, probably not like. There's a steering like a, wheel. It's gotta be a clutch, boat. though. Not a rowing boat. A boat with a boater boat has a steering wheel, and it's not. It's not as hard as a car because it doesn't have wheels that are resisting on the road. There's not as much friction because it's in the water. But isn't there like a clutch thing? No, this is the kind where you have to pull the string to make it go. I thought it was like a boat boat. What do you mean a boat boat? <laughs> <laughs> we have to move on. 
We have to move on. We just have to accept that Jenny we, knows how to I drive the boat. I want to know what Mike's definition of a boat boat is. Yeah, no, what's I, a boat boat? The love boat? Do you think Jenny's driving the love boat? I mean, what's a boat boat? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I mean like, not like a rowboat with a motor sticking in the back, but like an actual boat. This is Aberforth's, like, pride and joy boat. This is like a boat that you hook up to your car and take to the lake. I mean, this like, is like, I, like, I don't mean like a cruise ship. Like, like the sort of boats where you can't paddle it and it doesn't go on sailpower. It's a boat with speed. It is not right, an oar boat. Like, like a boat that needs a motor. It's not a rowboat. A... He's pulling out the throttle. Then the boats are going across the water. It's not a string boat, is it? Not what a rowboat, but it's a string boat. No, it's not a throttle. It's a it's a boat with a key and a throttle and a motor and an engine. It's not a not a string boat. What's the throttle? What a throttle? A throttle? So you say it's, it's, you said it's a, a boat a with throttle. a throttle. A throttle. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, Americanize it. I, I couldn't drive a boat if you dropped drop me down in a boat. Mike, I would, can you drive a car? Pro- I couldn't drive a car, like, on city streets, but if it was, like, escaping from evil bad guys, I could, like, careen around and illegally do So you things. don't have a driver's license? No, I have no driver's license. Oh, that makes Neither sense. Neither does Jenny. Jenny. What does it matter? Like, I think if you have a background in driving a car... You can maybe figure out the boat easier than if you don't have a background in driving cars. But so this is an actual like boat with like a cabin in it, is what I'm getting at. Like where you can go it's, in. It's a, it's a speedboat. But speedboats to me make me think like when I see when you say speedboat, I think of a boat that's the same size as a rowboat. It just happens to have a motor in it. How versus... many when I say speedboat, I think of the one where you have to pull the string to make the motor start. Right, which I don't think is accurate. I and think you steer like, it with a rudder. Yeah, and the boat that my aunt and uncle have. My aunt and uncle have a boat where you turn the key. There's like you can fit like eight people on it. You can turn the key. It goes right. like fifty clicks an hour on the on the water. It goes fast. It doesn't have That's a cabin. Though. You sit on the outside of the boat. Right. I just but think there are different kinds of boats. Like if it was just to pull a string on the motor. I guess anyone could do that. But even then, I'd probably crash it. Think of who's on the boat though. All the Wazies are in the boat. Lonnie, the twins, Harry, Ginny, Ron, her father, Remus, Tonks, Charlie are all in the boat. It's a pretty big boat. You turn the key, it turns on, and you drive it. Bigger oh. boats would be harder to drive. I would think the little boats would be. P.S. What P.S. was describing, it can't be it that. So doesn't matter. It so doesn't matter. It really does not matter. It takes you like three seconds to figure it out. It's easy. Can we talk about something different? Because my head's going to explode. Charlie died. No more Charlie at a towel. I don't understand why people care about Charlie. He had, like, one line. He just, like, stands still and looks pretty. That's all he does, just, he's you know? pretty. Like, I don't even understand why people think Charlie is pretty. Because he's a dragon person. Like, for some reason, they think that that wouldn't leave you horribly scarred. They just think that, yeah, that would make you horribly I, I hot. I picture Charlie, I picture, like, a guy who's covered in, like, burns and it's covered and has, like, all these ugly scars and, like, one eye and, like, a pig. Well, like, Charlie makes me think of my uncles who are cowboys that have been, like, gored, thrown. Like, his face is all leathery and stuff. I'm sure, I'm pretty yeah. sure Charlie is really gross. <laughs> <laughs> he never married and she said he wasn't gay. I mean, when she made a little family tree, he didn't have a wife. And then the interviewer is like, is Charlie gay? And she said no. So, I mean, he's straight and never got married. He must be pretty yucky. There, there are people out there who don't get married who are not yucky. Come on. <laughs> That's unfair. <laughs> This dragon thing is moody. supposed to be lucrative about being sexy. <laughs> Maybe that could argue for it. I, I think Charlie is mysterious, and that's why people find him alluring and sexy, because he's mysterious, because we don't know anything about him apart from that he likes dragons. The final thoughts that I have, Ginny is a well-written character. Harry has been abused beyond belief.
Life by Melinda Leo. M-E-L-I-N-D-A-L-E-O. All one word. And Ava Forth has a really big boat. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's very late. It fits like everyone. I think he might have magically expanded it, perhaps, because there was a lot of people on that boat. And one final thought about the chapters that we read tonight. Charlie dies. It's very sad. May he rest in peace. (laughs) Bye. 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 Guess what? P.S. is a Harry Jenny stripper. Tina, you have to join Facebook. Know why? I'm going to sell it to you right here. Facebook will make your life easier. It tells you what everyone you know is doing without you having to check. It's one-stop shopping. Plus, you can see a video of me trying to drive home from Maine. Oh, this is depressing. Oh, she just put in her date of birth. It's okay, Tina. Well, to get to my year of birth, I've got to scroll down. (laughs) It wouldn't approve my name. What? What what does it say? It says our automated system will not approve this name. What name did you put in? I put in my name. You have to love my old man hat. I thought they were good, and I wish there were more. You wish there were more chapters? There are more chapters. There are. We're covering them next We spent 35 minutes playing who would you turn gay for, and if you were a farm animal, which one would you be? So unfortunately, we got a little off topic in previous episodes, which I blame completely on Lady Chi. P.S. came out of the proverbial closet three episodes ago. That was half an episode, so we've had some distractions. There was an well, I think that made Melinda happy, so I think... The rest of the tomfoolery was made up for by um, me. And we did spend 45 minutes trying to explain to Mike just how easy it is to drive a speedboat. I think we offended the Jehovah's Witnesses at one point, too. We should have said I was a brush salesman. We should have We should have said the brush salesman. We apologize to the people of the world for that one. So um, we just played a fun game. We asked Lady Chi if she knew who the bad guy was, and she guessed on the fourth try. So Lady Chi's ready to start off our discussion tonight. <laughs> just kidding, Chi. I know there's a lot of great scenes in these chapters, and, you know, it was emotional, and we cried, and tears were shed and stuff. But I think you can sum the entire thing up to erectile dysfunction. I did not. Say Melinda has a tail. This is why you I did. Read you this thing. Melinda, Melinda Leo does not have a tail. I met her. I did not. <laughs> like I wasn't staring at her butt or anything. I call Danielle Hunt all the time. That's my term of endearment. You know, she calls me jackass. You know, as usual. Yes, like at my house. The running joke for me is that every time Danielle calls me Ryan, I'm like, what did I do? She's like, nothing. I'm like, you use my name. She's like, it's your name. I, I call <laughs> because we because how often do you call someone by their name? I'm I'm confused. Where did we lose you, P.S. or Rose, whatever your real name is? I'm sorry. I was on Facebook. (laughs) Were you confused about what I said, or were you confused about Facebook? I was confused about what Sue said. Did she say something about spells bouncing off of rubber? Yes, but we're not yes because Ron was hiding behind chairs. chairs. See, I knew I heard something about folding chairs. Uh, that was I was so too, bewitched because... by Ryan. Well, you're never going to get P.S. to say that again. I mean, there's nothing special about Harry, really, except that he happened to be born on this one day to this 
set of parents or whatever. I just think that that's what's good about Harry, and I think if you give him superpowers or train him in martial arts or give him a gun or, you know, anything like that, then you kind of take away from the magic of the series. And I'm getting off my soapbox. I don't know. I think I've read that fic. Yeah. There is a a gun. gun. Harry's got a gun. Oh, God. We're pretending we did not hear that. I am not that bad of a singer. (laughs) No, you're not bad. (laughs) Ryan just is being silly. Ryan has been up since five. In Goblet of Fire, it says the twinkle was gone from his eyes, and then throughout the rest of the series, he doesn't twinkle again. Yeah. He never twinkled in the later fix? In the books, no. After in, after the line in Goblet of Fire, like the night of the Triwiz tournament, where it says um, the twinkle was gone from his eyes, he doesn't That's twinkle That's very again. sad. I never noticed that. Well, then Melinda got that wrong, because he's twinkling all through POE in half of Curse of the Dead. He later dies and stops twinkling. Okay, so she got one thing wrong. She got one thing wrong, Melinda. I I, I would actually be interested in the fic where he's twinkling after he dies, because that sounds like it could have an exciting (laughs) zombie. (laughs) If he's twinkling after he dies, he's in Twilight. Voldemort sweeps across the grounds of Hogwarts, ripping open the white tomb. Dumbledore, his blue eyes twinkling. Twinkles in the moonlight. Oh my god, oh my god, have I told you about the zombie fic? The fic where Cedric comes back as Edward. Okay. (laughs) I I swear I have to tell you about this fic, because it's like the best thing ever. Um, Snape is like, found out by Voldemort to be a spy. So he is cursed and turned into a zombie, and they drop him in the middle of Hogwarts, and he bites Dumbledore, and Dumbledore turns into a zombie, and everybody turns into a zombie except, like, Harry, Ginny, Ron, Hermione, like, Dean, Luna, (laughs) and, like, Pansy. And, like, so it's them trying to, like, fight away the zombies. Harry and Ginny lock themselves in the library and have sex. (laughs) Because that's what I do when I'm being chased by zombies. Is that the cure? Like, what is that? No, 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 no. They're trying to find a cure, so they go in the library, and they lock themselves in, and they realize that the zombies are pounding on the door of the library, so they can't, like, leave through there. They make a port key from a Mm -hmm. book they found. And apparently it takes a while for a port key to simmer. So while they're waiting for the port key to simmer, they have sex. Yes. That's what I do. That's what I do. Nothing turns me on like port key making. See, they were in the restricted section, and there's like a cage, like door across from the restricted section. So the zombies were like reaching in for so them. It's cage match sex. Wait a minute. There's a cage on the door in the Order of the Phoenix uh, video game. You know, and there's old elevators that have the little door that you shut before the elevator. Oh, that they could get through that. Come yeah, on. well, they, they, were like, oh, yeah. they were, like, clawing on the door of it, and, like, Harry and Ginny were having sex inside the library. Like, Ron and Hermione are probably standing right next to them going, well, this is awkward. I hope nobody minds if I spoil the ending. It winds up, everyone dies, so what, they, like, somehow they wind up driving the night bus. So it's, like, Ron and Ginny, and Harry has been bitten, and he's slowly turning into a zombie. So they, like, crash the night bus into Voldemort's headquarters, and they, like, unleash zombie Harry into Voldemort's lair, and he he infects all the Death Eaters, and then it ends with Ron and Ginny being like, the zombies are everywhere, what are we going to do? And then Ron is like, I don't know, said Ron. You read that whole thing? That's literally the end of it. Like, the last line is of dialogue is, I don't know. Said Ron. Right, you know what? I think I know why Melinda drinks so much when she listens to our podcast. Because she's probably like, and what did you think of what I wrote? Let's have a gala. Let's go to the gala. 
And Dumbledore says, Harry, I will be your date, and I have nothing to wear. So Dumbledore goes shopping, and he holds arms, and they skip. And Melinda was almost right again, and Dumbledore was almost, you know, quite effeminate. But as it turns out, he is having a raging affair with Minerva McGonagall. Ew. That whole thing was yeah. in front. I, that was the scene. The Minerva McGonagall sex scene, which is implied... Not stated, but implied, and you only need to imply it with me. That's all you need to do. And that was implied. That was the moment when I was camping, like, three, four years ago, where I yelped at the campground, reading my fan fiction. I was new, and that was the moment where I looked up and said, there's a whole world out there I know nothing about. I had the same reaction to that. I screamed, Sue, like a <laughs> small child. But then they go, they're going um, to the gala, and they get to the gala, and, and Kingsley's like, we heard they're going to attack, and Dumbledore's like, keep me informed. I'm like, you're going to die, because it's going to attack. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, stop letting them outdoors. <laughs> because they're going to be attacked. You know, Harry's her guy and she loves it, but man, she gives him angst like no one can. She also gives him erections like no one can. I can't help but notice that during <laughs> All from POE, he has a book in his hands. You are like obsessed with Harry's penis. I thought you like, were going to say an erection Harry. like none other. <laughs> <laughs> Melinda writes like JKR and she writes, you know, the JKR, like this could be, you know, this could be year seven, you know, seventh Orgrex was stolen and, you know, masqueraded as a copy of Deathly Hallows. So it's like you get into that mindset of, okay, this could be canon. And then her, then Jenny's like, I bought red underwear. And Harry's like, oh boy. And you're like, Joe will never than that. The parents of the gumballs. So it's, I, I do really enjoy the fact that she writes them like real teenagers and she writes them like real 16 year olds. Harry's written very young in the last fix. So every time Jenny walks in the room, Harry's like, why am I feeling this way? And he goes to Dumbledore and he's like, Professor, why am I feeling this way? And Dumbledore's like, oh, crap. Um, can we talk about the prophecy again? Because I think that went very well. I'm just very amused that Arthur Weasley has to have the talk with Harry about basically how to have sex with his kid. I just thought that was incredibly, like, that was awkward. I don't want to hear about a 16-year-old telling her boyfriend she bought red underpants. Well, your good friend <laughs> Melinda Leo wrote it, so don't get mad at me, See, Tina, if that you is You know what, this is all going to come back someday to bite her in the ass. Because someday her boy's going to be 16 years old. <laughs> and he's going to tell his girlfriend he bought red underpants? I don't think that's going <laughs> to... Well, let's hope not, I guess. <laughs> they, they just made out by the tree, and then she gets up and goes back towards the castle. The minute she goes up back towards the castle, Harry is staring at her butt as she walks. And then Ron comes and sits down. He's like, stop staring at my sister's butt, blah, 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 blah. And they just kind of go on from there. It's just like this great moment. And, like, was Ron waiting in the wings for her to leave? Like, it just just flowed together very well. And I just love that rapport the two of them have back and forth with each other. Then he calls Harry a wanker. And then he's like, and don't think about my sister while you do that. I'm like, oh, my God. Aaron DeLeo just brought up (laughs) masturbation in the Harry Potter fan fiction. Even Joe Rowling didn't dare do that. So it's... Melinda Going where no other fan fiction author has gone before. Oh, she's going where everyone <laughs> has gone before. Everyone has gone before. <laughs> but she does it better. Well, it's just the fact of life. Teenage boys wank. Move on. It's not very exciting. Brian is disturbingly silent. No comment over here. <laughs> <laughs> I will 
will say that I do like Neville Longbottom with um, Hannah Abbott a lot better than I like him with Melinda Well, there's another thing that Melinda called. There you go. He eventually did marry Hannah Abbott. That's right. He did. He did. And he stared at her breasts, I believe. Her breasts. He did. I don't know why it is, but in Fanon, Hannah has amazing boobs. Here she has a nice rack. Is that in there? I believe that was in there. I'm like, Melinda, Melinda Lee, I was talking about Hannah Abbott's rack. It was incredible. I couldn't... As a writer, I usually take that as a bad thing when my characters resist. I don't like when characters don't do what I tell them to do. Especially when they refuse to have sex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, come on! It's like P.S. is writing a sex scene and he can't get it up. <laughs> there was one thing, Melinda, I noticed. It's hardly worth mentioning. And she's like, but Ryan, your opinion matters so much to me. I said, Melinda, I know. I happen to notice that Harry has a constant erection during both fics. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, during every scene, Harry seems to have an erection at all times. And Melinda's like, what are, you, are you serious? I'm like, yes. Every se- Go check it out. So she goes and checks it out. And Melinda returns, and she's like, I don't believe it. I'm like, what's that? And Melinda's like, I've never realized this before. I'm like, Melinda, what is it? She's like, I'm a pervert. So this is what <laughs> Perfect Weekly has done to Melinda Leo. We have actually convinced Melinda Leo that she is a pervert. Now, you're writing, you know, your quiet little story. And every other fan fiction author in the history of the world who wrote about Harry Ginny, you have them have a fight. And <laughs> Harry is a moron, as he always is, and he cannot see with his two feet in front of him. And Ginny is a Weasley, and she's feisty, and she's looking out for his best interests, but he is walkout and all that stuff. And they eventually get back together, and they kiss. And that happens. Yeah, he has the Harry Ginny shipper, so it was all worth it for that scene. Yeah, now, P.S., let's get into this here. What exactly happened? Because you've read stories, you've read Melinda's stories and, and I don't recall you becoming a Harry Ginny shipper. Now, this is kind of like, you know, when CIA agents go rogue. I'm going to go rogue here. This was the first time that I've read it, and it seemed like it worked. Because every other time I've read it, it seemed forced. In canon, it seemed forced. Because, say, the Seventh Horcrux is coming off of canon, it didn't really show how they got together because they were already together, So that's a, which is obviously understandable. And then maybe something like Coven of Echoes... It seemed forced. No foundation. Because I'm not somebody who thought that Harry Ginny was a logical leap from, say, Order. Or even anywhere in the canon. Read it again now. It's just not something I I thought until I read this. And then, I mean, if Power of Emotion had come instead of Half-Blood Prince then I would obviously be like Melinda. But, I mean... That would like, be interesting. Biggest, she could, like, dress right. like you, wear a wig, walk around. Like, that'd be nice. So, P.S., behind one door, Harry Ginny. Behind the other door, Slughorn Dumbledore. Which door do you open? Slughorn Dumbledore. I mean, I went from hate to love, but it's still irrevocably number one. Sorry, Melinda. Well, Melinda, no one hey, I, I find it fascinating how obsessed you are with Slughorn. <laughs> Keza or I, who do you like better? Excuse you, me, me, me. Clearly, I never right. said who do you like best. I said of Keza, who is sadly not You're here. You're all anymore. special in your own unique ways. Oh, right? you were such a mother of multiple children. <laughs> Everyone wins on Potterfic Weekly. This is like socialism over here at Potterfic Weekly. Everyone's a socialist. 
Sorry, we're a little close to the elections. Melinda for president. <laughs> you're a winner in your own special way. Are you way kidding me that my husband said that to me the other day? He says, you could never run for any kind of public office. They'll get on to your Harry Potter stuff. And, you know, he knows that I wrote the sex scene in the last one. He wasn't fighting for climate, but he wanted to be inside when that happened. The next thing Jenny knew, Harry... <laughs> Balls. I'm like, oh my god, you're right. <laughs> well, I hate to tell you, but that story got packaged and like delivered to millions of people worldwide, and they're all reading chapter thirty-two. Oh my god! Well, that was the well. Okay, Melinda, thank you so much. I almost forgot to ask you the most important question, and I want to thank you, Melinda, because without you, right there, I would have forgotten it. What's up with the erections? <laughs> Did you not know? I don't really think think it was an erection, Ryan. It was a tightening in his jeans. Oh, it was something like that. Oh, Jen, too. Don't talk to me about tightening in the jeans. When I heard about your conversion, P.S., Slughorn is going to be in the story. I haven't completely worked in how I'm going to get him in yet because it's post-Hogwarts. But he's gonna be in there. Oh, I can I, I cannot (laughs) wait. I cannot wait. I get so excited whenever I see him in anything, and if he's portrayed. Good. I get so excited. So I am so excited. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I think Yes, is peeing herself. God, I'm so excited. I'm so- Did you say squeeing or peeing? There was some I said I said PS is squeeing herself. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Melinda, look what you did. Unfortunately, in one of our previous podcasts, we got off topic, and and we did play the Who Would You Turn (laughs) Gay For game, and um, one of our lovely forum members um, did mention that they would turn gay for Melinda Leo, and I have to ask you, how does it feel to be a sex symbol for young women everywhere? (laughs) What? You don't. This is flattering. Melinda slowly thinks to herself, I'm glad Jen cut my cleavage out of the picture. That's how you know you're having a very slow night when Jen and I are having a half an hour conversation about your cleavage. I'm like, can we move the cleavage? Can we move the picture above the cleavage? What are we doing? At least your rest have not been the topic of conversation on the podcast. Yeah. If anybody ever complains about what these people talk about about you. P.S.'s breasts were the topic of conversation once, because P.S. was the one to bring them up. Oh, she's brought them up to me like 10,000 times. She loves, she's obsessed (laughs) with her own breasts. It's ridiculous. Shut up, Mike. The thing is, she doesn't think that we know that she has them. So she keeps reminding us when they come up, and I'm like, P.S., we, we figured. It's okay. She has to talk about her breast prowess so that we know that she has them. But yet- I'm just loving this line of questioning because it's moving away from her own cleavage. This is my prediction. You know, think I have insider information. Don't think whatever you want. Vernon is going to be killed by the Avada Kedavra curse. There will be a freak accident on the way to the cemetery, and Petunia will be hit with the casket. <laughs> Take it to the bank. Damn right, you stole my idea. <laughs> if anyone would deserve it, it'd be those two. In front of the entire neighborhood. 
<laughs> because oh, that would be so it. mortifying for Petunia. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, that's how I want to go. So we're, we're standing, and I have my arm around her. This picture's up of this moment on my Facebook account. And we're standing in front of him, and he positions us on the bumper of his car, because we're outside. So I'm like, right, this, is, this is new. Well, okay, maybe it's about the car. And he, 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 he is completely pale. He says, Danielle, my lovely daughter, Danielle. And Ryan. So now I <laughs> I want you to know that, that it's been an absolute joy for us to have you. You've been a very hard worker. He's eulogizing. And, and you and you brought a, a great deal of joy to us each and every day. And we're all going to miss you so much. And <laughs> we, we wish you just the best of luck in all your future endeavors. And I look at them and I'm like, Oh my god, he's giving the, you're leaving the firm for better opportunity speech. And I lean over and this picture's I swear got up on my Facebook page. I actually swear to god, I thought he was gonna give her a clock. And it was like the single funniest moment of my life. So the theory here is, if you're going to give a speech, please write it in advance. Even after that, he's like, Rod, you think I covered, I really am work on that. I'm like, Dave, it was seamless. We had no idea you were doing that. I mean, she's coming back. I know, we're there every Sunday. Like, it's hysterical. What advice would you give aspiring writers? I don't know, I'm still trying to be one. <laughs> Please ensure references to bananas in the making of the Smuts Giving podcast. Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. It's Sexual Experimentation <laughs> Tuesday. Bananas in pajamas, I chased in teddy bears. Guns on Tuesday's bed, I'll try to catch them on the bed. It's my new Skype tag. It's Sexual Experimentation Tuesday. I'm P.S. I'm Jen 2. I'm Julia. And I'm Lady G. So I'm feeling, <laughs> feeling pretty groovy. Feeling pretty groovy. Yes, I was thinking about that, Jay, when I said that. This, at the time this episode is being recorded, we are recording our discussion of the thick book of Morgan Le Fay. And as you may know, that thick does contain some adult situations. And, Just a few. Yeah, with bananas. Oh, that's but, what all this banana stuff is about. I haven't read yeah, that yet, yeah, and all, all of a sudden bananas are popping up everywhere, and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Now I get it. Thank you for clarifying. Please continue. I read Stealing Harry. I saw that, like, there were chapters in the middle that, like, had a higher rating. And I said, (laughs) (laughs) But how many times, honestly, do you want to read about the hero being awkward in bed? I don't really want to read about Harry learning how to be good at sex. I just want to read Harry being good at sex because I don't want to have to think about how you know, Jenny's training him or whatever. I just want him to get to that sex god stage. I don't have to read about Snape learning how to be good at sex. He's already very good at sex because, like, Booster Smallfoy taught him how to do it. So he's already really good at it. <laughs> yeah. I've read one where it was the plot of Jane Eyre, except it wasn't Snape, Hermione. It was actually Snape Harry. Oh <laughs> yuck. Wow. Yuck, 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 yuck. He even, he even had a wife hidden away. Oh like, like, it was... It was the story of Jane Eyre. That's really funny. And I actually found a Snape Hagrid fic. And on behalf of everyone, I'd just like to say my hand. Ew. <laughs> uh, okay. 
That's highly <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> wow. Now I may vomit. And he comes home and brings lingerie. Harry has to dare her to model for him in order to get her to smut him. <laughs> that is a great new verb. Brilliant! A really hilarious story. And it is Harry Luna, and Harry has a problem. And Harry's problem, let's just say he needs Petrificus Totalis. Yikes. <laughs> oh. And it is a very, very funny story. <laughs> Is it wrong that I was totally aroused by that? Wait, hold on. Hold the phone. Let me make sure I'm understanding what you just <laughs> said to me. Okay. They decide to polyjuice each other. Like, Harry takes something to be no, Hermione Harry t- or Jenny. Jenny, and Jenny takes something to be Harry. And Harry takes something to be Jenny. Yeah, and then they can't keep your hands off each other. Well, <laughs> I was just, I was reading it and I was just like, I wish there was really polyjuice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to go in my kitchen and mix some up. That sounds like entirely too much fun. That's, it sounds like a really, really good it idea. Sounds, Julie wants to go stop what she's doing so she can go read it. No, I don't want to go read it. I want to go like look up recipes for Polyjuice Potion. Don't lie to me. Well, I mean, like the thing of it is, is like you read what you like to, I mean, you know, you read what you like to, it's not a matter of being closed-minded or open-minded, like, as far as I'm concerned, like, my, like, thing. Um, it's not necessarily, like, if you like something or you don't like something, that doesn't make you closed-minded or open-minded. It means you know what you like, you know? Like, why bother wasting your time if you know you're not going to like the premise? That's, okay, that's not an entirely fair statement. I didn't mean to say that if I started to say that. Because what I will read versus what I will well, that's not even fair anymore, really, because I've watched a lot of... What's really funny is, like, when you start out writing, like, guess that you haven't been publishing that long, but I've been publishing for, like, seven or eight years on the internet, and, like, I used to have a list of things that I would never, ever write. I would. I was such a snob. I was like, I'm never going to write, but I'm never going to write, you know, Bond stories. I'm never going to write, and I totally have done everything that I have said that I would never do. So, I mean, it's just a matter of as I get older as a uh, writer and as a person, like, I continue to push my boundaries and become comfortable with different things. Like, you have to start out, I guess you don't have to, maybe, but I started out kind of tame. And then, <laughs> just kind of have to branch out from there, so. Well, like, the thing of it is, is, like, I don't know. I... I'm really, I'm having a hard time articulating my point. I don't know what's wrong with me. Not that I'm saying, like, having kids isn't a good thing or anything. I'm just saying that, you know, there's, well, I mean, like, they're at a certain point, like, okay, you know, it's still fantasy. Like, if that's something, like, turns on or something, then you are, like, want to fantasize about it. But, you know, you can still, still miss out about it. And, yeah. Well, we just lost Chi. Bye, Chi. We'll miss you, Chi. We'll muddle through. And I don't like Harry Draco, and I love Harry Ginny, and I love Harry Ginny, and I love Harry Ginny. She really does love him! And I want Harry Ginny. She does!
I told you. But I love bad smut. It is so much. Oh my god. There's this quiz on Live Journal that I really like to take. It's called What Random Phallic Object Are You? And I, I you are a banana, it turns out. Yes! We have no bananas. We have no bananas today. Hey, wait a second, P.S. Let's let's do these questions together. Okay. You most like to dress in bright, varied colors, dark earth tones, neutrals, pastels, or varies widely depending on my mood or where I'm going. Okay, in bed, your significant other does something uncharacteristic of them, but not at all unpleasant. How do you feel? Excited. Variety is key. Grateful. You absolutely melt at the thought that your partner went out of their way. Intrigued. You'll have to figure out a way to repay the favor. Indifferent. You could take or leave this new thing because it was this was fun before and it's fun now. Or suspicious. Where did they learn to do that? It's a sunny summer day and you're on vacation. Where would you be found? You're going to throw a party. What will it be like? Oops. During the party, you got food on your shirt and your guests are laughing at you. What do you do? I'm a hot dog. I'm a banana. Whatever life piles on you, you can handle it all and still retain an edge of fun. Most people recognize that and appreciate it, even if you can be a big weenie sometimes. I have pinged Keza. Keza thinks it's funny that I'm a big weenie, and she is now trying to figure out what she is. Yes, so we have no pen on it. Hang out for that late-breaking news when it develops. Keza is the Washington Monument. Oh. <laughs> How American of her. Oh, say can you see the John's early Ryan is on. I really want Ryan to take the quiz. (laughs) I'm taking the quiz. Okay, good. Ryan is a banana. Yes, we know you've got a day of bananas. So far, it's three to one for the banana and the hot dog. Let's not forget that Keza was the Washington Monument. But this is a banana-approved episode. This is Banana 1. Have a good night, everybody. So this is Banana banana 2 signing off. And Hot Dog. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> hot Diggity Dog. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Good night. Good night. Yes, we ain't got bananas. We ain't got bananas today. Historically, the primary sanctuary color of Advent is purple. This is the color of penitence and fasting. Did you just uh, wiki Advent? No, Ryan, I am. I know this. Don't you know how well-versed I am in Catholic doctrine? Purple well, I never asked you. In Catholic churches, the purple of Advent is also the color of suffering used during Lent and Holy Week. This points to an important connection between Jesus' birth and death. The nativity, the incarnation, cannot be separated from the crucifixion. The purpose of Jesus' Are you reading this off a teleprompter right now? What's going on? <laughs> you doubt me, right? Doubter, doubter. The purpose of Jesus' coming... What just happened? Word made flesh and dwelling among us is to reveal God and his race to the world through Jesus' life and teaching, but also through his suffering, death, and resurrection. To reflect this emphasis, originally Advent was a time of penitence and fasting, much as this thing is repeating itself. This was badly edited. I told you she was reading something. I feel like we're giving unfair time to the Christians.
Something's wrong. Dashing through the snow, and I want horse up and sleigh. All the fields we go, laughing all the way. Ha, 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 ha. Dashing through the bush, in a rusty hold and ute. Kicking up the dust, a ski in the boot. Kelpie by my side, singing Christmas songs. It's summertime and I am in my singlet, shorts and thongs. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Christmas in Australia on a scorching summer's day. Jingle bells, jingle bells, Christmas time is beaut. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a rusty holder newt. Engine's getting hot. Dodge the kangaroos. Swaggy climbs aboard. Here's welcome to all the families there sitting by the pool. Christmas day, the Aussie way by the barbecue. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Christmas in Australia on a scorching summer's day. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Christmas time is beaut. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a rusty holder newt. Come the afternoon, Grandpa has a doze. The kids and Uncle Bruce are swimming in their clothes. The time comes round to go. We take a family snap, then pack the car and all shoot through before the washing up. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Christmas in Australia on a scorching summer's day. Jingle bells, jingle bells, Christmas time is beaut. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a rusty Holden Ute. <laughs> Tina, because you have to leave first. Tina, how was your day? Oh, it was just lovely. Tina, how was your day, really? Okay, so we have a winter storm warning in effect in the New England area. And it took me an hour and a half to get home from work. And it was hot in the car but cold outside. And then I got home and I ate bad frozen pizza. And my husband was trying to put the lights on the tree so we could decorate the tree tonight. And then he gave me a glass of wine to wash down the bad frozen pizza. And I looked at where he put the Christmas tree, and he put it in a very bad, bad place. But I just looked at him and said, hmm, great. And so he gave me the the man look, like, what, 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 in one of those. So anyway, he ended up moving the tree to the place I wanted it. Everyone else hates it there. We decorated the tree. My girls were little pills. I wanted to shoot them, and I asked Ryan if it was not appropriate to shoot my children while we were decorating the tree. Ladies and, then- and gentlemen, <laughs> please let me introduce the head of Hufflepuff House on the Polarific Weekly Forum. She is the head tree hugger. Outgoing, yes, but she is still, as I record this, the head tree hugger. <laughs> yeah, so they were fighting like siblings do the whole night, and then everything we asked them to do was like a chore, and I told them that I was going to return all their gifts because they didn't deserve nothing. Yeah, so Ryan invited me onto the podcast because he said I'd bring the spirit of the season to the evening. <laughs> Run over by a reindeer Coming home to Papua Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But all us Hufflepuffs, well, we believe He was listening to the podcast Which can be a risky thing Well, he laughed so hard the car swerved and I guess he found St. Nick was oncoming When they found him the next morning In a snowdrift on the way 
He was wrapped in Christmas paper and kept babbling on about a giant sleigh. Ryan got run over by a reindeer coming home to Papua Christmas Eve. You can say there's no such thing as Santa, but all us Hubble Pops, well, we believe. So it's hospital for Ryan. Broken arm, a lump or two. But they can't say that concussion made the Bruce pattern like sleigh runners straight through. We're all sending thoughts and wishes. And he's got advice from Jen. If he makes it on the podcast, this time he might be the one on Vicodin. Ryan got run over by a reindeer. Coming home to Puffwa Christmas Eve. You can say there's no such thing as Santa. But all us Hufflepuffs, well, we believe. Well, I have to say it's strange now. Though he's been away before. He left she as the headmistress And she censors things that no one ever swore Yes, we're all so lost without him Like we're walking in a fog Why, without Ryan there to do it Someone else will have to learn to monologue Ryan got run over by a reindeer Coming home to Papua Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But all us Hufflepuffs, well, we believe Ryan got run over by a reindeer Coming home to Papua Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But all us Hufflepuffs, well, we believe was the night before Christmas when all through the tower not a Ravenclaw was stirring not even Bob the Squirrel King the stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there the youngins were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of electronics danced in their heads and Keza in her kerchief and Jen too in her cap had just settled in for a long winter's nap when out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, Jen too sprang from her bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window she flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. When what to her wondering eyes did she see? But Headmaster Huggles and eight mischievous Hufflepuffs dancing in glee. With a jolly little podcaster so lively and happy, she knew in a moment he must be quite sappy. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. 
now Tina, now Layla, now Wayne and Scott, on Jules, on Melinda, on Anki and Suet Duckfoot, to the top of the tower, to the top of the castle, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the spire, the coursers they flew, with the sleigh full of toys and the headmaster too. And then in a twinkling, she heard on the ceiling the prancing and pounding of each hoofwa being. As she drew in her head and was turning around, down the chimney Huggles came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow. And the beard of his chin was as wide as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth. And the smoke, it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a round little belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf. And Jen, too, laughed when she saw him in spite of herself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave her to know she had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim... Ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to Kufwa, a good night. So, Keza, is there anything you would like to say about the Christmas holiday so far? Yes, I have had a wonderful Christmas so far. It started when we went in the rain. Have a good night, Keza. Bye. Today is Boxing Day. For those that do not know, Boxing Day is a day when most good, well-mannered people visit their close friends and relatives that they did not see at Christmas. But I am not out celebrating frivolously today. Why, you might well ask, would a beautiful and talented person such as myself not seek out my friends on Boxing Day? I am here to warn you. You see, I didn't understand. I couldn't. I was far too busy and far too stressed. I had papers to grade and kids to raise. How could I understand? Ah, but I am getting ahead of myself. You see, it all started on a particularly hectic Christmas morning. What are you 
What is it now? Can't you see I'm busy? The tower is still a mess. I've lost all my Jane Austen novels. There are papers that need grading everywhere. I have not started Christmas dinner and I can't find Gen 2. The tree isn't up and the house point totals haven't yet been double-checked. But, Kaza, it's Christmas Eve and there's no tree. The stockings aren't hung by the chimney with care. Sugar plums? I need sugar plums. Can't you people tell I need sugar plums? And it's the fourth day of Hanukkah, but we haven't been able to light the menorah for the past two days. The menorah what? The menorah for the Festival of Lights. I'm supposed to light a candle every day. Honestly. Shoshana, if you want to light some candles, be my guest. It might brighten the place up a bit. I don't think Lego installed the track lighting correctly. That's the problem. Look, whatever. I haven't got time for this. I've got a million things to do and a million places to be, and if you're worried about the tree, find Lego and Wolfie. They're the ones I put in charge of the tree. Gecko, if you want the stockings hung up, then hang them up, dear. And Ali, if you want sugar plums, I'm afraid you're just going to have to make them yourself. But that wasn't the end of it. No, not by a long shot. The day only seemed to get worse. I mean... The kids talk about nothing but High School Musical for two years, and so you buy them High School Musical, the board game, and the complete High School Musical collection on DVD. What do they do? They shrug and go outside to play. What's with that? I spent good money on that horrid game and that show. So after spending part of my day celebrating the birth of our Lord's son by doing research for summer homework, I ventured back into the Ravenclaw common room. Okay, which one of you got Yuletide in my eggnog? <sighs> eggnog is disgusting. It is not. Eggnog is delicious. Fruitcake is disgusting. Fruitcake is wonderful. Marzipan is disgusting. Marzipan is delicious. Kugel is disgusting. What's Kugel? Noodle pudding. <clears throat> People eat that? At least it's not as bad as gefilte fish. Are you really arguing over which holiday food is the worst? I'm not. I'm trying to organize the Ravenclaw Christmas feast, but the house funds were apparently depleted buying lemur toys, and our charge card got rejected when I tried to buy the turkey. Lemur toys? Well, I'm assuming. Someone spent 1,500 galleons at Pets Anonymous. They don't ask questions about what you're buying your pet. Ew! Wait, wait. How did they buy the tree if the house fund is empty? That's what we were trying to tell you earlier. There is no tree. No stockings. No sugar plums. That's... Enough! I will get to the bottom of this. Come in. Dave, where are Lego and Wolfie? I don't know. I've been here counting house points all day. Well, where could they be? I'm not sure. Uh, have you checked the who's online list? The what's it? The who's online list. Dave, what have we told you about speaking that gibberish in the common room? Do you know where they are or not? No, I told you. I've been counting house points all day. Don't get snippy with me. Are you at least almost done? No, I'm only a quarter of the way through the house point totals. Hufflepuff is still in the lead, but I don't think I'll get done with this audit before the end of the year. Nonsense. It's still a week away. But with time off for Christmas, there isn't enough time to do a complete recount. Well, then there won't be time off for Christmas. Ravenclaw is behind, and we need you to make sure all of our house points have been counted. Will I at least be able to get my Christmas bonus? Bonus? Ravenclaw still trails, David. You'll be lucky if I let you keep your job. But my fan club needs that bonus. We're saving up to get their lips surgically removed from my bum. Oh, crikey. 
Meanwhile, elsewhere in Ravenclaw Tower. Lego, Wolfie, Tessa has been storming all over the tower looking for you two. Us? Why would you want us? You were supposed to set up the Christmas tree. <laughs> oh, we bought a tree. Yeah, it's decorated too. Well, where is it? <laughs> well? Don't look at us. Ask Bob. The Squirrel King? No, the other Bob. Keza is going to kill you. I'm not afraid of Keza. Yeah, uh, me either. Suit yourselves. Keza, Lego and Wolfie are hiding in your office. Whoa, that's totally uncool. Quick. You go that way, I'll go this way, and one of us is bound to make it out of here. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, with faithful leaves unchanged. Where are they? They ran for it. Didn't you see Lego? He was running right towards it. No, why didn't you tackle them? Honestly. I commentate about people tackling each other. I don't tackle people. Ever since you got engaged, you've gone soft like tapioca. Hey, I can't help it if my priorities have changed. I've got a family to look out for. Well, did you at least find out what they did with the tree? They said to ask Bob. That Bob went home for the holidays. Hey, don't look at me. That's just what they said. Damn, I have to go. I have a turkey in the oven. But I didn't go soon enough. Instead... I had to listen to Mr. Keza Catterwall about overcooked turkey and runny mashed potatoes. I was understandably edgy when I headed back to Ravensclaw Tower late that day. My family had sucked what little Christmas cheer I had left directly from my bones. Keza, there's trouble in the kitchens. What now, Kismet? It's it's Allie. She was trying to make sugar plums, and, well, the kitchen's exploded. Tina is demanding reparations. Sweet melon, what is wrong with this day? I'm not sure. June took Scarlet to the hospital wing after she singed her eyebrows, trying to hang the stockings by the fire. Do you have any uh, good news? Well, we found the tree. Oh, that's great, Gecko. Where is it? It's on the roof. Well, why didn't you bring it? Down. Well, Bad won't want anyone near it. What? Why? Well, it's decorated with hundreds of pairs of little lemur-sized knickers, and he's being quite territorial about it. Knickers? Yep. Racy ones, too. <sighs> Sweet Merlin, what next? Oh, do me a favor. Go get Dan and round everyone up. I have had enough of this. Slightly later. <laughs> Lego. Yes, Keza? Wolfie. Yes, Keza. Did I, or did I not, put the two of you in charge of procuring a Christmas tree for the house? Mm, you did. Then why is there no Christmas tree in here? It's on the roof. I know it's on the roof. Why is it covered in knickers? Uh, well, sometimes people like to decorate the outside of their homes. It's on the backside of the castle. Nobody can see it. Did you want us to display our knicker-covered tree more prominently? No. Okay, well, I mean, make up your mind. You want a tree, you 
don't want a tree. You knew what I wanted. Oh, come on. It was funny. No, I had it. Do you know who hung the stockings by the fire? I did. I've been cleaning up messes all day. Cooking, cleaning, chasing lemur-obsessed imbeciles all over this castle. And does anybody care? No. It's, where's the sugar plums, Keza? Where's the tree, Keza? Why are the mashed potatoes running, Keza? That's it. I've had enough. Christmas is over. But, Keza, Christmas hasn't even started yet. It's still three hours. Nope. It's over. The next person who so much as says the word Christmas is getting thrown in the pit of despair. Keza, you can't do this. Watch me. But Keza, you said you wouldn't throw anyone else in the pit of despair. You know, after what happened with Mac, nobody's seen him since. There are rumors. Never mind about Mac. I am taking down the rest of these decorations, and I don't want to hear one more word about Christmas. You'll go to your dormitories, and tomorrow will be just another Friday. But... Tomorrow's Thursday. Thursday, Friday, whatever. The point is, there is no more Christmas. Now go to bed. And they did go to bed. Oh, they weren't happy. Mutinous seemed a more apt description of the Ravenclaws, but with stony faces and angry eyes, they went to bed. I myself took a few minutes to rip down the decorations that had made it onto the walls. I set the catches back to their normal colours of navy and bronze, and then I got rid of the mistletoe that had been hung strategically above the girls' staircase. With a wave of my wand, I zapped it out of existence, eliciting a small cry of pain and rage from the nargles that had taken up residency therein. My work done for the day, I trudged my tired bones to my bed. It had been far too long a day. I put on my nightdress and lay in my bed watching a beam of moonlight travelling across the floor until I fell asleep. Kaza! Kaza! Kaza Bear! What's that? What? It's me, Lady Chi, the old head of Ravenclaw House. Uh, why are you waking me up in the middle of the night? I came to warn you. You will be visited by three spirits. Oh, crikey. Is Peeves on the loose again? No, it's... Is Gecko stuck in the dome again? No, it's... Is Helena harassing the bloody Baron again? Would you just let me finish already? Well, you don't have to scathe at me. You, Kezabear, will be visited by three spirits to help you realize the purpose of Christmas and to help you see the error of your wicked ways. Now I'm leaving. Bah humbug. You try and give somebody a warning and what they see you get nothing. Well, as you can imagine, sleep did not come easily after that as I tried to determine the source of Lady Cheese's scathery. Three spirit. They'd better not interrupt my summer slumber, I thought. Hey, wake up. Not now. I've been haunting you for 15 minutes. Get up already. Gentoo, why are you waking me up? I am not Gentoo. I am the ghost of Christmas past, and I've come to remind you of the meaning of Christmas. Ah, oh, come on, Gentoo, it's late, and I've had a really long day. Just go back to bed. I am not Gen Two. I am the ghost of Christmas. I'm telling you, I'm not her. Look, she's over there asleep in her bed. What? But how? That. That doesn't make sense. You look just like Gentoo. You think we had enough to cast every character for this ridiculous thing? Now just 
put on a robe or something. I've got to give you a series of flashbacks, and we haven't got all night. Do I get a say in this? No. Oh, that's just great. An even longer day. Let's get this over with. Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. Where are all the Dave's house? 1995. Whoa, what's with all the flannel? It was grunge generation. Is that little Dave? Yep. And he just got his very first calculator. Someone can be that happy about getting a calculator for Christmas? Just Dave. But what matters is the joy that it brought him. What? What's that it just opened? Uh, it's, uh, a little black book, it looks like. That's an odd gift for a four-year-old. Don't ask me. New Yorkers are just weird. Scarlet's house, Las Vegas, 2003. Mom! 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 It's snowed! Look, it's snowed! It's snow! Can we go outside? Don't you want to open your presents? Oh, yes, I do, but it's snow! Can't I just go out in the snow for a little while? Oh, come on, honey. It'll be at 104 in an hour. Let her go play in the snow. Oh, all right, but bundle up. I don't want you to freeze. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. No. All the toys under her tree, but what she really wanted was just a little snow. Hey, I want a little snow. Don't be ridiculous. You live in South Australia. You recognize where we are. Home. I really wanted a new doll, but things are tight, and my sisters just gave me dolls that they made. I was so disappointed they weren't new. But it was the thought that counted. I didn't know that then. I was only five. sisters gave you what you wanted, even if they couldn't buy it. I liked them. I really did. I just, I hadn't played with them yet. I really wanted a Cabbage Patch Kid. But you still had fun. Yeah, later that day, when I sussed out they were just as fun, and how hard my sisters had worked, it made me really happy. That's the magic of Christmas. Christmas is a special time that fills people with childlike joy. Have you seen the errors of your way now? I know people love Christmas, but it's a whole month of work. Buying presents, setting up the tree, cleaning, cooking, organizing activities. It's just too much. I think we're better off without it. Very well. Be forewarned, Keza. 
the spirits of Christmas will not be denied. And then, in a flash, she was gone, and I glanced across the room where Gen 2 was still sleeping. She had a suspicious murk upon her face. I started wondering if perhaps I'd acted too hastily. It was Gen 2's favourite holiday. Maybe I'd gone too far. No, that couldn't be right. It was Wolfie and Lego's fault. If they'd just not messed up the tree, then maybe I wouldn't have been overacting. But dozens of lemur-sized knickers? That was going too far. Finally content that I had made the right decision, I slipped back to sleep, hoping my night of visitors was at an end. But not really counting on it. Not now, Mr. Kesum. Sleepy. <coughs> oh, no, not again. We have a tight schedule. Yes, don't tap your clipboard at me. I'm tired. I just want to sleep. I am not P.S. Great. Who are you supposed to be, the ghost of Christmas present? No, don't be ridiculous. I'm the ghost of Christmas P.S. Are you wearing green and red plaid? Of course. It's Christmas. Now, we really must be going. There's much to do, and we haven't got all night. You and that clipboard. I hate that clipboard. Now, really, Keza, don't blame the clipboard. Off we go. Where are we? We're still in the tower, just a different room. You see, the Christmas spirit can't be ripped from people's hearts. Here in secret, your charges are exchanging Christmas gifts, and it still fills them with joy, even if they can't do it in the common room. Here, Allie, I made this for you. I wish it was better, but I suck at knitting. Jesse, I made you one too, but I'm not sure when you'll use it. You made me a scarf? That's so sweet. I made you guys something too. Let's sneak over to Brianna, Gecko, and Jesse's room and give them their gifts. We'll have to be quiet. We don't want Kaza to find out. I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. Why I saw is Kismet still She's up late, doing more knitting to give to her friends. She has a few more to go before morning, but she doesn't mind. She's been sitting in here knitting and singing since you sent everyone to bed hours ago. ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. I took these decorations down. Yeah, but Lego and Wolfie have been putting them back up all night. They even brought the tree back down from the roof. Look. That's odd. I mean, it's pretty the way the lights reflect in the shiny knickers. Sorry, bad. You've had your fun. Osseo knickers. You think this will be enough regular ornaments? Well, we could put a few of these red and green knickers back. You see, they do have the spirit of the holidays. They just went a little overboard with the lemur shenanigans. And here is Dave, spreading his holiday cheer to his family. What do you mean, spreading holiday cheer? He's supposed to be auditing house points. Nope, he's writing personal Christmas cards to each member of his fan club. Let me see that. You're my very favourite fan club member. Thanks for all your love and support this year. I don't know what I'd do without you, love, Dave. But... He's written that on all of them. Well, you can't really expect him to pick a favorite, can you? <sighs> what is it with men and commitment, anyway? Now, that's not really the point.
We are in Kansas, Toto. Really? Kansas? I always wanted to come to the States. You're supposed to be watching Lady Chi and her family returning from singing and playing music at their church. It's past midnight. Here it just became Christmas. Christmas spirit in you. But how am I supposed to do that? But the ghost of Christmas Piescent was already gone. I thought briefly about getting up and hexing Wolfie and Lego for disobeying a direct order, but I couldn't bring myself to get up again. I was tired, and if everyone was telling the truth, there was still one more visit to expect that night. I laid my head on the pillow and thought about what P.S. had said, that the spirit of Christmas came from inside me. Come with me. Uh, I don't know. Um, what's all this then? I was just down here a minute ago. It was all decorated. I miss Christmas. Me too. The singing, the eggnog, the lights. People being happy. Yeah, I miss that too. Why does Allie look so sad? Allie, do you want some sugar plum ice cream? No. She's just never been right since Keza cancelled Christmas. I know, she took it the hardest. This is the future? This is because I cancelled Christmas? It certainly is quieter. Oi, stop that. When are we supposed to be now? Ravenclaw Tower is a burning pile of rubble again. Don't tell me this is because I cancelled Christmas. Crikey, Lego causes this kind of destruction at least every six months. What are you doing? What are you pointing at? Ravenclaw disbanded 2017. Hey, you can't pit that on me. That can't be my fault. Stop. What are you doing? What's that knocking sound? What's going on? I woke up suddenly, short of breath. There was a pounding on my front door. My laptop was sitting on my lap, shut down from lack of power. The pounding persisted, and after a moment, I disentangled myself from the lounge and answered the front door. Sorry to come so late, and on Christmas. The post has been a bit behind, but I knew you wouldn't want to wait. Happy Christmas. The slightly odd postal worker, with a long white beard, handed me a box. On the outside of the box was written, With love from Puffa. My hands shook slightly as I held it and sat it down on the coffee table. I slit the tape with a knife we'd been using earlier to open presents and opened it slowly, my heart beating. And there, on the top, was the cutest stuffed little lemur. I sat bad to the side and tore open the box. There was Pop-Tarts and Butterfingers and books, and I laughed and I found a set of Hello Kitty Band-Aids. There was a card underneath the piles of goodies. Have a very Merry Christmas, it said, with love, Gen 2 and your friends at Puffa. Well, I scrambled for my laptop, but the battery was dead. I had to get online. I dove across the room to my rucksack and tore it open to find my power cable. It wasn't there. I left it upstairs. 
I dashed into the bedroom and ripped the power cable from the wall. What's wrong? I've ruined everything. I can't talk now. I dashed back down the stairs and plugged in my laptop and fidgeted anxiously as my laptop booted much more slowly than seemed appropriate given my agitated state. And finally, finally I reached Puffra and ran into the common room. Christmas isn't cancelled! I yelled at the top of my lungs. I turned around and the stockings were filled and the tree was decorated with fairy lights. And there on the table were sweetbreads and fruit and everything was decorated so happy and brilliant. The inhabitants of Ravenclaw Tower came down the stairs and gathered around and I exclaimed, Good news everyone! Christmas isn't cancelled this year! <laughs> and the youngins cheered and the old geezers laughed and Jen too smirked as she hugged me. I knew you'd come around. Then, from nowhere, Lego hauled off and kissed me. I wasn't sure whether to hug him or slap him. Until he pointed straight up and said, Sorry, strategically placed mistletoe. We grinned and we ate and we laughed and we shared and everyone in Ravenclaw was as happy as they did. The Christmas was merry and the holidays were bright. Just goes to show that Christmas is inside you. Even if you think you lost it, you just need to know where to look. Happy Christmas, Pouffois. Hey Poofa, this is Lego Bean, wishing all of you a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, and a really great New Year. Happy Holidays, Poofa, and have a Happy New Year. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Kismet. I wanted to wish everyone a very happy holiday, whether you celebrate Christmas, Kwanzaa, Yule, or Hanukkah. I hope you have a wonderful new year. Merry Christmas, Puffla. Hey, everybody, this is P.S., and I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Happy Holidays, Puffla. Season's greetings, Puffla, from everybody in Ravenclaw. We wish you a reggae Christmas. We wish you a reggae Christmas. We wish you a reggae Christmas and a reggae New Year. We wish you a reggae Christmas. We wish you a reggae Christmas. We wish you a reggae Christmas. Karen, now you've known me for a long time. Almost eight years. Yeah, it's the better part of a decade. Now, do, do, do you remember the I first thing? people say that, better part. Because <laughs> <laughs> they don't have any better parts left. Karen just got her first mortgage, everybody, so she's a little excited. Yeah, and I'm unemployed. <laughs> it's great. Living off the government, kids, oh, it's a way to go. All right, now, I just want to ask you a question. Now, you're not really what one would call a Harry Potter fan. That would be correct, yes, sir. Now, let me ask you this. I do this little podcast thing at, at Perfect Weekly. You're not really in on it. No, no, not so much. I just have one question for you as we celebrate this joyous season of, of giving. What do you think it is I do here? I think you're like Bob Barker on The Price is Right. You're like the little host man or whatever. Right. And, you know, you're like, oh, let's play Harry Potter Plinko or something. Have you ever listened to an episode? Probably listened to the equivalent of... Like 16, because you played them nonstop in the car to Connecticut <laughs> on the way to Danielle in New York City. I believe what Karen is referring to is the season finale clip show. Yeah, the clip show was great. Karen, what would you like for Christmas this year? A Happy Meal, a Chicken McNugget one, and a good, solid, non-crazy man. <laughs> 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 
Merry Christmas, Poofa. It's Jed, too. I just wanted to apologize in advance for what you're going to have to go through. Just listen. Ain't this a glorious way to sing a songless cliche? I'm sure that it's all wrong. Listen to my trail by your own free will to my little song. <laughs> oh, it's a jolly holiday at Poofois. Huggles makes your heart so light. If your day is gray and ordinary, the four makes your sun shine bright. The Gryffindors are toying with the Slytherins. The Ravenclaws are hugging the Puffs. When Jen one holds your hand, you feel so grand. Cheese new novel is in high demand. Oh, it's a jolly holiday at Poufwa. No wonder that it's Poufwa that we love. Jolly holiday on Poufwa. Ren has the perfect bite. Mike is always good for entertainment. Kez stills the show outright. The episode is late and Ryan's dressing. P.S. is writing Slughorn slash affairs. Melinda reads your fic. You're in the click. No other podcast really quite compares. Now it's jolly holiday, Poofa. No wonder that it's Poofa that we love. It's a jolly holiday, a poofwan. Communities like we are few. Though we're like a diamond in a wank vest. Underneath our strength is true. We'd never think of missing any snark vest. Laughter is the hallmark of our creed. iTunes needn't fear when we are near. Our complete fidelity's crystal clear. Oh, it's a jolly holiday on Poofwa. A jolly, jolly holiday with you. A very jolly holiday with you. Now, at this point, Excuse me, Poofoidians. You know, I really do have pneumonia, and I can't believe I just sang that song for you. 
It's only because I worked really, really hard on it, and I couldn't help not having a Christmas shout-out that I even did the any, the anything at all. But there's this whole section of this song where I'm supposed to, I don't know, say things really fast. There's no way on God's earth I'm saying anything really fast, anyhow. But I can't not mention the people that I wrote into the song, so I'm just going to have to do it with the background behind me, and I'm just going to have to read you the words as well as I can, excuse me. (laughs) It's true that Lego and Wolfie have ways that are winning, and Tina and Sue at Duck's Foot set your heart spinning. Cody's delightful, Dave is disarming, Richard, Nathaniel, Julia are charming, Rafes is dashing, Obli is sweet, Tylet is smashing, Rosie a treat, Danielle, Kismet, Scarlet, and Dan, convivial company time and again, Scott and Wayne and Brian are swords, I'll agree are three jolly good sports, but cream of the crop, tip of the top, it's Brian, Huggles, and there I freaking stop! <laughs> Merry, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Cheery Kwanzaa, Happy Snow, Happy Poofwa, Merry Christmas to everyone. This is my favorite place to be. I love you all, and I hope that you're enjoying a very happy holiday with your families. God bless. Bye bye. Oh, Ted too. Bye. I didn't have a headset. I'm like, what the yeah, heck? Brian's calling was, me. That's what I was telling him. <laughs> well, it's prank calling people for Christmas. So, <laughs> prank call someone you don't care. Well, yeah, we should all knowledge. we should all know that you're being prank called. Everybody should have like a. a I did the coolest thing. prank call not too long ago. I had you called Sarah Palin and pretended to be French. No, I. <laughs> Mike, can you do me a favor? Can you imitate anybody else's voice? Because I just want to see if you can do a voice not your own. Well, I can't do like an accent, but I can be like I can be like a persona. What? Like, you can be a persona. <laughs> like, like, I, I could be like P.S.'s father, who's like really angry at Ryan for having an affair with his daughter. I, <laughs> I demonstrate. <laughs> oh, for the love fair? of God! <laughs> <laughs> well, it works better if it's now Ryan knows. Like, I, if I call him out of the blue, I can trick him. All right, Mike, pretend I don't know. So you're going to accuse me of having an illicit affair with P.S. <laughs> you really want me to? Well, if I'm going to have an illicit affair with P.S., someone should really call me out for it. So please, yes, go ahead. Okay. Uh, phone's ringing. Ring. Phone's ringing. <laughs> Pick it up, Ryan. I'm picking up the phone, Mike. You say hello? Who is this? Yeah, usually hello. you say hello and you pick up the oh, phone. I'm sorry. I, I, I thought this was all, like, in narration. I didn't realize this was Hold in real time. All right, hold on. I'm grabbing the phone. Hello? Hello, is this Huggles? He's speaking. Are you the young man who on the 5th saw her for dinner? You sound like you. don't talk like this. Yeah, anymore. you're not angry well, no. enough. Well, the, the, the thing is, like, are you the person who saw her for dinner? I'm like, what? So you're accusing me of seeing your daughter for dinner? Well, then I build up from there. And you go, wow. Were you accusing her of being naked at the time? Like, what is the problem? (laughs) You you broke the role play there, Ryan, so now you'll never find out. Nobody sounded like you. Your entire system is encompassed about people not knowing what you sound like. I'm going to try a Keza accent. I I, I screwed up. No, 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 no. Let me. I can stand like... My father does not have a Keza accent. Oi! But, but, but Kismet has been drinking. Kismet. Has been I have not been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm from work. 
You think you sound like Kizza? That's pretty good. I think you sound like you came from Texas. Well, no, no what happened? Not. She followed. She followed Mike trying to do it the whole sport. So, boy, look at that. What? What? <laughs> No, it's a joke. Stop it. Stop it. You're embarrassing yourself. Stop it. You know what I think? I think a dingo ate your baby. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're saying dingo with a Baltimore accent. I can't not do it. It just happens. I can't imitate any accents of other cultures. Australia is the greatest place in the world. We haven't Oh, my God. People are embarrassing football now. We're making it so you don't have to apologize to Australians. Yeah, because I'm Australian myself. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm in a seventh grade talent contest. It was in Hufflepuff Commons before Christmas night. In the tiniest house elves were out like a light. All their hand-knitted elf caps were hung up with care in hopes that the headmaster soon would be there. The Hufflepuffs burrowed quite snug in their beds while stories and sound effects danced through their heads. The cat by the fire and goats in their pen. It was, all in all, a most comfortable den. When out on the pitch there arose such a clatter, they all sprang awake to see what was the matter. Downstairs to the common room, Hufflepuffs dashed. The goats too awoke and were bleating for mash. The puffs brought out candles, and by their warm lights they saw through each window the strangest of sights. For there on the lawn, full of good puff or cheer, was a sleigh-riding Huggles, quite failing to steer. He was waving an iPod and laughing with glee. They all wondered if he was listening to Chi. Around or through obstacles closer he came, and he laughed as he shouted out every host's name. Stay on topic, Keza, Mike, Rinna, Chi. We'll do it. P.S. Jen, Jen, too, you'll see. Oh, who am I kidding? We're having a ball. It's Puffo at Christmas. Have fun with it all. Then flicking the reins from the ground his sleigh rose, and Huggles grinned, missing a tree by a nose. As up to the turrets his cursors they flew, with a sleigh full of goodies, and Danielle there, too. And then through the chimney his voice they could hear, he shouted out, Hey, Tina! I brought the beer. So quickly the Hufflepuffs all turned around. And Huggles appeared, flowing in with a bound. He was dressed as a pilgrim from hat down to buckles, though Danielle had told him, admits tardy chuckles. That outfit's all wrong for the season, you know. It really won't work very well in the snow. Indeed, he now brushed a small drift off his hat, but he didn't seem very put out about that. Instead, he just grinned and said with a wink. It makes people laugh, so it's worth it, I think. Huggles filled house elf caps from his overfull pack, while the elder elves laid out a small Christmas snack that the Hufflepuffs all were appreciative of. Bernard even knocked someone over in love. While Danielle and Huggles laid gifts all around, couches, the floor, any place that they found, the others ate some of the food that was there, and then brought them plates, so that they too... Could share. Soon the good couple was through with their work, and though not a puff, Danielle wasn't let lurk, but joined in the party. It ran for a while, till finally Huggles turned round with a smile and shot to Danielle a significant glance. They tripped to the flu with a bit of a dance, and his voice could be heard as they faded from sight. Happy Christmas to all. Have a great puff one night. It was December 24th, and neither a dark nor a stormy night. Well, it was sort of dark, being night and all, but there weren't any clouds, so the moon and the stars were out. Large portions of Hogwarts were quite dark, however, including the Hufflepuff common room, until several shadowy figures entered, bearing candles. Darkness would be useful to them, anyway. Have we got everything? I think so. What do we need? 
Let's see. Ravenclaw gift? Check. Gryffindor gift? Check. Slytherin gift? Check. Hufflepuff gift? Wait, why do we need one? If we get hit too, the other houses won't know it was us for sure. Yeah, if we do it right, we might even be able to look like someone else specifically did it. Ooh, that'd be fun. Who? The Gryffindors! They always prank people. Look at the Weasleys. And we're using a Weasley product on the Slytherins. Yeah, who else would get those right? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back on topic. We should have one too. The rest of the Hufflepuffs deserve a present anyway. I think they might enjoy it. Oh, okay. But I don't think we have one. Leave it to me. I have a cunning plan. Oh, dear. Right. Transportation? I can get some of the elves to pop you in. You'll need to do the actual setup yourselves, though. They're supposed to be mostly neutral in things like this. Besides, sneaking around it is fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is what the ninja suits are best for, after all. As long as you don't trip, huh? Uh... Right. With that, the little group began to separate. Sue and Dan left first with Popsy, as she had to make a small stop at the menagerie to prepare her special surprise. Patsy took Lauren and Scott up to Gryffindor, and Trisha grinned wickedly, clutching a luridly coloured package as Weldy whisked her and Kayla off to Slytherin. Don't overdo one here. We still have to live here, after all. Ryan nodded soberly, and then, as soon as she left, went back to whirling his wand through the air, seemingly at random, chuckling gleefully. Melinda watched him with a certain fondness, shaking her head in exasperation, then ducked a particularly wild swing and came over to lean against a wall with Tina, also watching warily. Don't worry about him, um, too much. He's, uh, not wearing his headmaster hat just now. Star Trek Hmm, I'll say. Sue, Dan, and Popsy, the conveniently mute house elf, appear in the magical menagerie. Dan, if you get the box ready, I'll go get your lemur. Don't take too long. Sue goes to the back of the shop while Dan sets the gift box on the counter and takes the lid off. Come here, girl. I found a home for you. Sue reappears with the pretty little lemur cradled in her arms. The lemur begins to struggle when Sue tries to shove her into the box. It's all right, girl. It'll just be for a little while. It's a lemur. Dan points his wand at the lemur. At this point, the lemur considers contacting the local office of PETA. Hufflepuff House is required by the Perfect Weekly Legal Department to remind you at this time that no lemurs were harmed in the creation of this skit. They were, however, shoved into boxes by the incoming head of Hufflepuff House herself. This won't hurt a bit, and when you wake up, you'll have a brand new home. And the Ravenclaws will have a big surprise. (laughs) Dan casts a charm on the lemur that will cause her to sleep until the box is opened. Then he casts a second charm. Pay attention, that one is part of the Ravenclaw surprise. Popsy, please take us to the tower now. The conveniently mute plot device, holding Sue and Dan's hands, apparates them into the common room. They take a minute to gaze around the newly rebuilt tower. While Lego and the Claws did a beautiful job rebuilding this. If we ever give up hugging and become militant, I'm the drive by need. We should have a contractor. Yeah. Nice tree. I like how it's all done in silver and blue. I don't know what's up with those knickers, though. I want to hug it. There's no time for that. Let's leave the gift there, though, shall we? The two ninja puffs, part of the elite paramilitary arm of Hufflepuff House, carry the gift-wrapped lemur and place her gently down under the tree. Think about that. I bet you've never heard that line before in your life. I think that's it. 
Let's go before someone catches us here. The two head back towards the mute house elf and part-time plot device, who is waiting patiently by the entrance of the common room. Because really, why else is she there? Before they have gone very far... Wait! I forgot the gift tag. What gift tag? This gift tag. With a flick of his wand, a gift tag appeared on the box. It's very exciting. Oh, that tag... What does it say? Dear Ravenclaws, please accept Ginger, Octavia, Olivia, Douglas, or good for short, love, Santa. <laughs> That's perfect. We'd better go. Sue and Dan join Popsy just before they operate. Enjoy your new home, good. The Ravenclaws will sure be surprised when they get up in the morning. <laughs> Little did Sue and Dan know that the Ravenclaws' day would be dawning much sooner than morning. I hope you like dawning right there. It's British. We thought we'd throw the popping sound of them leaving wakes Lego, who rushes downstairs with an upside-down golf club in one hand and an overstuffed pillow in the other to investigate the noise of bad perch on his shoulder. Meanwhile, Trisha, Kayla, and Weldy crack into the Slytherin common room. Trisha and Kayla begin looking around with wonderment in their eyes. I've always wondered what it looked like down here. I think I like the Puff common room better. Ours is much cozier, and we've got Helga and the goats. Though the view of the lake would be pretty cool when it's warmer out. Thanks for the ride, Weldy. The elf bobs a small curtsy, and Trisha turns to Kayla. Where do you think we should put the, um, gift? They look around for a likely spot. Weldy then consulted, only shrugs. I think we should leave it in front of the fireplace. Or it could be more traditional and leave it under the tree. Do we want to be more secure so they run into it, or with the rest so they won't get suspicious? We don't want the other gifts to be ruined either. I can take care of that. Our intrepid puffs go off to the tree to place a gift underneath it, sneaking carefully past a sleeping penguin of all things. <laughs> Suddenly, hearing a thump and a muffled squeaking noise, they turn in alarm to see Weldy with a small, bright green snake wrapped around both ankles, nibbling off it. Stop that snake! Trifka's totalis! Trisha and Kayla extract Wildy out of the snake's coils and help her up, only to have her dive to the floor again, clutching Trisha's knees and protesting eternal gratitude. Oh, that's all I need. Kayla just grins at her, though she helps free her from Wildy's clutches after a few moments. They both turn to look at the still frozen snake. Look at the mess you made! Now we're going to have to straighten this place up. You should know better to try to eat a hell stuff. Bad snake. Really bad snake. If you're hungry, I'll summon a mouse for you or something. Taking Trisha literally, Weldy vanishes and reappears, handing her an immobilized mouse. Thank you, Weldy. <laughs> the meat and Kate hate him. Kayla Clee unfreezes the snake, and Trisha gives the mouse to it in turn. Here you go. You are a bit of snake, but no more elves. Two Hufflepuffs take charge of half the room. There isn't actually that much disarranged, so soon enough the common room is cleaned up. Exchanging small smirks, the two prepare to mess it up again. Kayla casts several subtle repelling charms around the Christmas tree and a few other strategic places, while Trisha, grinning wickedly again, casts a triggering spell connecting the orange and green package to the room's internal entrance. The two glance at each other again and nod. Taking Weldy's hand, they disappear to meet the others. In yet another part of the castle, Scott and Lauren arrive in Gryffindor Tower. Thanks, Patsy. They look around the room curiously. It seems just about as cosy as their own common room, really, but definitely different. 
After a moment, Scott takes an odd-shaped package out of a pocket, revealing several bundles of no-heat fireworks and other odd green pouches, which shouldn't all have been able to fit. Okay, so we start with the spells to... uh, Lauren? Lauren! Scott looks around to find that his partner has wandered off. She's moved around the walls of the room, poking at the various decorations. Scott goes over to her as she reaches the window, gazing out into the moonlit grounds. Nice, huh? What? Oh, yeah, it is nice. I've always liked the stars and the moon. But, uh, anyway, I guess we should probably set up the spells now. (laughs) Right. They proceed to modify the fireworks fairly extensively, casting complementary spells in tandem. Once they're finished, the fireworks have taken on a silvery sheen. Lauren shears off to examine the other side of the room, while Scott carries the completed fireworks to a fairly central table, wondering how they ought to be wrapped. Ah. We're supposed to be stealthy here, remember? Two of a monkey landed in her head. What? Lauren turns, drawing her wand, and sure enough, there is a monkey wrapped around Scott's shoulders on the back of his head. As he picks himself up from the floor, a spider monkey, to be exact, which makes him either red or forge, she isn't sure which. The second monkey doesn't seem to be... Ah! The second monkey lands on Lauren's shoulders, causing her to also lose her balance. Unlike Scott, she manages to catch herself with her outflung wand arm, which sets the garland she was looking at on fire. Lauren quickly isolates the fire, and she and Patsy manage to put it out without all that much damage. Though the ends of Lauren's hair are now oddly singed. Meanwhile, Scott has succeeded in calming his monkey, which it turns out just wanted to play. The monkey now sitting on one shoulder, he straightens his robes and casts the final triggering spell. There. As soon as one of them touches it, they'll... Watch out! The second monkey, fleeing Lauren's unexpected fire, streaks over to join his friend. Unfortunately, the most direct path involves bounding over the table in front of Scott and the newly primed fireworks activate early. Oh, go. Yeah, we better go. What? Go. Please, run. Never move. Get out of Never mind. I think we should just go. The monkeys, having been scared off by the first blast, are now having great fun leaping among the fireworks, shooting up and raining down on them all. Lauren and Scott regroup with Patsy, who's prudently hiding behind a chair. Gripping each other's hands, they vanish before anyone emerges to see them. The sound lost within the general noise. The three daring duos find themselves at the mouth of Hogwarts' lower corridors, nearing the kitchens. Apparently there was something going on with the Christmas feast, and all else were needed, so theirs had dropped them off here rather than in the common room itself. Oh well, it's still better than trying to sneak down seven flights of stairs and hope no one notices. Ninja suits or not. Yeah, I don't think that worked especially well right now. What the heck happened to you two? What do you mean? Well, uh, you're a bit... He gestured, and the two of them looked at each other as the rest all gazed at them. The singed ends of Lauren's hair were sticking out of her hood, still smoking faintly, and both their ninja suits now featured splotches of deep green and shimmering silver atop the original shadowy colour. Um, let's just say our timing was monkeyed with a little. They definitely work, though. Sparks shoot up lovely bright marks and flares, bounce around the ceiling for a bit, then turn into snowflakes, which fall gently down. And dye everything they touch silver or green. That was your touch, I presume? <laughs> right. The Hufflepuffs blinked, chuckled, shook their heads, or otherwise expressed incredulity, <laughs> and started down the corridors toward their common room. Ours actually went pretty well, I'd say. 
I had a bit of trouble getting good to stay in her box, but Dan helped out there, and we got her placed in tags so they know her name. Yes, well, you know handle animals, so yours involved less direct mayhem at first. Though I wouldn't want to be there when she wakes up or gets discovered by bad. Two lemurs making friends could well turn that common room upside down. Hmm. <laughs> what? The good, the bad, and the upside down. <laughs> How about Slytherin? Was it okay? Yep, in and out. It was simple. Except for the part where you got your own personal house elf life debt. Yeah, yeah. Stupid snake. But anyways, the package is there, and I triggered it twice. So as soon as anyone comes in from the dormitories or touches the box, they will have their very own Weasley Portable Swamp. Kayla put a channeling spell, so there will be islands through. Well, there had to be a few dry spots. We couldn't just bury the whole common room in two feet of water. Why not? Because it's not nice. They'll have enough trouble as it is without having weeds and stuff all over their presents. Oh, they'll have fun with it. They can make little boats or rafts or something and put all over the room. Trisha's defense was interrupted as the group rounded a corner and met Tina coming the other way, looking harried. Oh, good, you're back. The elves went to the kitchens? Yes, they said there was some sort of problem. I know, that's where I'm going myself. Sue, maybe you can do better than Melinda and I. We tried, but... Why? What's wrong? It's... Well, it's hard to explain. Ryan had this idea for our present, but he got a bit... Well, maybe you'd better see for yourselves. I have to go. Tina rushed off, and the small group of Hufflepuffs were left to approach the common room warily. The short entry passageway seemed to be fine but Kayla pushed the final door open with a trepidation, unsure what they might see. Guys sometimes get lively around here. We play games a lot, and of course the pets sometimes make a ruckus, but they aren't really that scary, are they? Here, take Helga, she's lovely. I promise you, it isn't actually like this all the time. Ryan's a very nice guy, really. He's just excited and enthusiastic right now. Oh, hi, guys. Huff Huff stops in the doorway gazing at their vastly changed common room. Snow was everywhere, literally. Animated snowmen battled with each other with swords, axes and halberds made of icicles underneath the tables. On a lot of chairs and halfway down the boys' staircase as Ryan made conducting motions with his wand. Melinda was sitting on a couch with a white-faced cashier who appeared to have been pinned to the wall on entry. A flying icicle showed pieces of her robes. The six of them groaned. What? Very good, girls. Let's do it again. No, that's enough. We really don't want to overdo this. We have a very long episode. Now, wait a minute, girls. Karen, cut that out. Danielle, get down. Danielle, get down. Hogwarts students, you ready to sing? Yeah, let's sing it now. Ready, Hermione? Ready. Ready, Jimmy? My name is Karen. Christmas, Christmas time is near. Time for toys and time for cheer. We've been good, but we can't last. Hurry, Christmas, hurry fast. Want to bring the loops, the loops. Me, I want to hoop, I hoop. We can hardly stand. 
That was very good, Danielle. Naturally. That was very good, Karen. Uh, um, Ryan, do a little flat. Watch it. Ryan. Ryan. Oh, okay, okay. Here we go. Seventh day of Christmas, Poofwa gave to me. Seven states exploded. Six Four near death disasters. Three exploding toilets. Two off topic ran. And puggles on a subject on a bar. On the eighth day of Christmas, Poofwa gave to me. Eight cups of Kool-Aid. Seven states exploded. Six Death disasters, three exploding toilets, two off topic land, and puggles on a starship monobar. On the ninth day of Christmas, Poofwa gave to me nine droplets traveling, eight cups of Kool Aid, seven states exploded, six cups of Molly, four near death disasters, three exploding toilets, two off topic land, and puggles on a starship monobar. On the tenth day of Christmas, Poofwa gave to me Ten doulas dueling Nine droppers dropping Eight cups of Kool-Aid Seven states exploded Six cups of Molly Five Four near-death disasters Three exploding toilets Two off-topic ran And puggles on a starting monobar On the eleventh day of Christmas, Poofwa gave to me Eleven games for playing Trappers traveling, eight cups of Kool-Aid, seven states exploded, six cups of Molly, four near-death disasters, three exploding toilets, two off-topic ran, and puggles on a subject monobar. On the twelfth day of Christmas, Oofwa came to me, twelve Oofwanian singing, eleven games for playing, ten doulas dueling, nine trappers traveling, eight cups of Kool-Aid, seven states exploded, six cups of Molly, Four near death disasters, three exploding toilets, two off topic ran. Whatever you do, don't 
stop. It'd be like the Hogwarts song. They hey. Dashing through the I thought I'd take a ride as soon as Miss Fanny Bright was seated by my side. The horse was leaning and was didn't seem to be He got into a Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. I'm done. I win. I'm done. I win. I'm done. I win. anyone to an open sleigh before. That was new. So what's a bobtail? They tie the yeah. tail off, so it oh. puts a bobtail on the back of the horse. If I'm in a weird mood, I take Christmas songs the wrong way. I was listening with Danielle the other day to the um, Baby It's Cold Outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that the name of the song? And I'm listening. Have you ever listened to the lyrics of that song? <laughs> I wrote a fix based on that song. There was a there was a challenge, and I on oh, yes on oh, SIYE, yeah. Yeah. Great one. It's a really good fic. We should read it. Look at that. I brought fix into it. <laughs> I was listening to the lyrics, and it's like, don't go home to your parents. Stay here and sleep with me song. I know. Also, Let It Snow is like a date rape song, too. It's like... <laughs> it felt like that. I'm like, this is awful. This is teaching a terrible message. And she's like, it's the baby. It's cold outside. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The neighbors might think, baby, it's bad out there. Say, what's in this drink? He's <laughs> trying to get her wasted. It's like Ray is right now. Thank God she's alone. <laughs> you should read my book. Nothing is very nice. And nothing hey, at all to do with drugs. Isa, Julia, Kismet, Ray, and P.S. sing the Hogwarts Hoggy Warty song thing. <laughs> okay. okay. I, uh, I, don't, I don't know what the words are. Hogwarts, 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 H
For another barren full of air dead flies and bits of fluff. So teach us things worth knowing. Bring back what we forgot. And dim did something, something, and learn till our brains all right. Okay, Julia, you sing really well. <laughs> Thank you. You're the second person to tell me that. Just do your best, we'll do the rest. Oh, that's it. Just do your best, we'll do the rest, and learn till our brains all rot. Who can oh, sing God. the Sorority Hat song? Which one, P.S.? The first one. I can't sing it, but I know it. Recite it. And coming up tonight on Potterfic Weekly, it's the Poetry Corner. Oh, you may not think I'm pretty, but don't judge on what you see. I'll eat myself if you can find a smarter hat than me. You can keep your bowlers back, your top hats sleek and tall, for I'm the Hogwarts sorting hat and I can cap them all. There's nothing hidden in your head the sorting hat can't see, so try me on and I'll tell you where you ought to be. You might be long in Gryffindor where dwell the brave at heart, their daring nerve and chivalry set Gryffindors apart. You might be long in Hufflepuff where they are just and loyal. Those patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil. Or yet in wise old Ravenclaw, if you've a ready mind, where those of wit and learning will always find their kind. Or perhaps in Slytherin, you'll make your real friends, those cunning folks use any means to achieve their ends. So put me on, don't be afraid, and don't get in a flap. You're in safe hands, though I have none, for I'm a thinking cap. Wow. Very good. I got most of it. Oh, do you guys, don't even go there. I can do the fifth one, and that thing's freaking epic. There weren't five, it's really the third That's one. true. I can do the one from Order of the Phoenix, too, just I have to think of how it starts. In times of old when I was new. In times of old when I was new and Hogwarts barely started, the founders of our noble school thought never to be parted. United by a common goal, they had the self-same yearning to make the world's best magic school and pass along their learning. Together we will build and teach the four good friends decided, for never did they dream that they would someday be divided. For were there such friends anywhere as Slytherin and Gryffindor? Unless it was the second pair of Hufflepuff and Raven. Claw. So how could it have gone so wrong? How could such friendships fail? Why, I was there, so I can tell the whole said sorry tale. Said Slytherin will teach just those whose ancestry is purest. Said Ravenclaw will teach those whose intelligence is surest. Said Gryffindor will teach all those with brave deeds to their name. Said Hufflepuff will teach the lot and treat them all the same. Now, these differences caused little strife when they first came to light, for each of the four founders had a house in which they might take only those they wanted. So for instance, Slytherin took only pure-blood wizards of great cunning just like him, and only those of sharpest mind were taught by Ravenclaw, while the bravest and the boldest went to daring Gryffindor. Good Hufflepuff, she took the rest and taught them all she knew. Thus, the houses and their founders retained friendships firm and true. And so Hogwarts worked in harmony for many happy years, but the discord crept among us, feeding on our faults and fears. The houses that, like Pillars 4, had once held up the school, now turned upon each other and divided sought to rule. And for a while, it seemed the school must meet an early end, what with dueling and with fighting in the clash of friend on friend. And at last there came a morning when old Slytherin departed, and though the fighting then died down, it left us quite downhearted. For never since the founders 4 were whittled down to 3 have the houses been united as they once were meant to be. And now the sorting hat is here, and you all know the score. I sort you into houses because that is what I'm for. But this year I'll go further, listen closely to my song. Though condemned I am to split you, still I worry that it's wrong. Though I must fulfill my duty and must quarter every year, still I wonder whether sorting may not bring the end I fear. Oh, no, the perils read the signs, the warnings history shows. For our Hogwarts is in danger from external deadly foes, and we must unite inside her or we'll crumble from within. I have told you, I have warned you. Let the sorting now begin. That, I am extremely impressed. Julie. You could have been making that up, and I wouldn't know because I don't even know it. That well, I barely remember my passwords, let alone the sorting. Extremely <laughs> 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 impressive, Julia. Thank you.
Narcissa Malfoy, who is like Molly Weasley on crack. Like, I don't trust this woman. Do not eat the chocolate. I don't have a good feeling about her. I was screaming, run, Harry, run, when that came up. I gotta say, it's like when the child molesters are after you. Get away from him. Call for an adult when Hagrid's like crying in the bar right now with his head like down in the bar. Well, he's screaming cones and melting through his beard. I really liked the the interesting take that they had, although I do take offense at um, Hufflepuffs being duffers. Yes, what the hell is up with that? You have, you know, not to jump ahead, you have Hermione Granger <laughs> trying to help a, a poor, defenseless Gryffindor find his pet, and she is targeted by the, the cool kids, and she is sentenced to life in Hufflepuff without the possibility of parole. And I have to say, WTF, man, I love you, Hufflepuff. Sue and, I, yeah, Sue and I decorate things, and every evening at 7.30, we get together for group hugging time, and it's wonderful in there. Like, WTF? You try and embarrass your child as much as humanly possible. I totally do. I dance in public, but oh. it's totally embarrassing, sir. My oh. father, when I was in school, always said, bring your homework to school tomorrow. If you don't, I'm driving down to the school in my bathrobe to give it to you. I never forgot my homework. He would do it because he was nuts. I think that Lucius, he's being his self. As his teacher, <laughs> you would never, ever, ever take a child from where they're supposed to be with the person that's supposed to be watching them not knowing where they go. And I, in my notes, I was like, this should not have happened. Um, and then to... Sue is filing a DCF complaint. <laughs> Hagwood. Hedwig. What the hell did I just Hag- say? Hagwood. Hagwood. Like, oh my god, is the spawn of Hagrid and Hedwig. Oh dear. But a me for the uh, house oh hat. Oh my god. Yeah the, yeah, the house hat and the ass hat and the hat. Oh my god. Here's one thing I have in my notes. Vernon would never say wizard school or magic carpet, and I don't believe Harry would snap at the wizarding being insulted at that particular point in the story. I don't believe he'd be in, he, he would snap at Vernon for insulting the wizarding world. It just seems weird. Dot, dot, dot. P.S. tells me this is actually from canon. Joe should be ashamed of herself for that bad characterization. <laughs> so that was a point where... It's like when she in the real world would insult Shakespeare for being a hack writer, and I'm going after Death Rule for inconsistent characterization he has cut and paste from the actual novel. So I would like to say I'm an ass hat. <laughs> and, and to answer the question, um, yes, they do eat toast in canon. Oh, I thought you were going to say, yes, Ryan is an ass hat. Thank you. <laughs> well, that too. Yeah, they eat toast, they eat soggy vegetables left from soup. And uh, I think they drink orange juice, too. Yeah. That's right, they do, yeah. And bacon rice. to be in a union or something. They have awful work. <laughs> the one question I have, what the hell was up in Chapter 2 that everyone, like, it's like co-ed changing room. Everyone, like, gets up. And Harry's, poor Harry. He's, like, taken by the adults in Diagon Alley. Hagrid's running around looking for him. And no one can understand why Hagrid's drinking heavily in the, in the afternoon. And everyone's taking their pants off around Harry. He's like, I am uncomfortable and would like to speak to an adult I trust. What was up with everyone joining the choir all of a sudden? It's like, I can't sing. Well, neither can I. All right, I guess I'll join then. And 
he's like, you know, the Sopranos over here. I'm like, am I a Soprano? Is there a test for it? And I want that bathroom. They've got like the heat controlled showers. I picture the, like the Gryffindors. They have a hole in the ground outside of the tower that they bathe in. I think it's neat. Don't they say at one point that they had this nice bathroom because like all the rich pure blood fat yeah. like in and yeah. Hogwarts under Albus Dumbledore is seriously a libertarian's dream come true because there are no universal standards. Like the Slytherins have remote control shower heads and the Gryffindors <laughs> are they're getting a sand scrub on the ground because they can't afford water. And there's no, like, standard, okay, here's your Quidditch broom, have fun at the game. It's however much money you have dictates how fast you can fly in the game. Harry was riding on his Nimbus 2000, and, you know, the Hufflepuff chaser came up on his clean sweep version one. Meep, meep, trying to get up over the... He's trying to take off, and he can't get any altitude, and he crashes down to the ground again. Harry got the snitch! We win 810 points to 60. If there was a man of action, his name was Gregory Goyle. Just think about that for a second. I like your note, too, where you say crab or was it Goyle is great at astronomy. He's only three-dimensional in the middle of the night when we can't see him. The lines that pissed me off the most in the story were the ones written by J.K. Rowling. I was born without wisdom teeth because I'm a higher state of human development. Hold on. You are the future of mankind. Why is it always me? Why is it never chi? You never talk about cheese breasts. He has his breasts are a fixture of Parfait Weekly. I got into a fight with a pit bull. I was hitting it over the head with a lawnmower once. My grandfather likes pit, loves troubled pit bulls that are in kennels for like because they're psycho pit bulls. And he takes them in and he doesn't train them. He just has like a pack of them. This was a while back. This would be like eight years ago. He has me over. I'm, I'm going to mow his lawn for him in the back because he can't do it because he has a bad hip. And my grandmother, who was still alive at the time and had Alzheimer's, she forgot I was there. And so she opens the door to let these dogs out. And all these dogs hate me. They're, like, in a big circle around me, like, lunging at me. And I'm, like, spinning the lawnmower and hitting them with it. And one of them, I, I used to wear, like, really baggy jeans, like, kind of like the, the, like the white guy with the ghetto jeans. And it ripped my pants off. And I was hitting it. Like, literally, like, I, 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 See, you're in your underwear whacking dogs to the wall. It, was, it, ripped, it ripped off the left leg. So, like, it was like, I had the right... Wait, 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 hold on. Go home. Like, I had the right leg of my jeans, but not the left leg of my jeans. You should have just ripped them off and made it be shorts. I, I, I probably should have. I said I just went back with half shorts, half jeans. New luck. Hey, Ryan, how long can I keep an egg before I have to throw it out? I don't know why this just occurred to me, but I'm thinking about this. I think if I traveled to Europe and I had to travel with someone from PFW, I'd want Ryan. If I was traveling to South America, I'd want Chi. And if I was traveling to Asia, I'd want PS. I'm not sure about Africa. Oh, no, Australia, I'd want Why would you want to bring Chi to South America with you, if you don't mind my asking? She seems like the sort of person who would be good to go on sort of like long hiking trips with, see like places in the jungles and that sort of thing. Like, it seems like a cheese sort of thing. Like, she'd be a cool person to go hiking, camping with, and, like, know how to survive. Hold on. I'm typing to her now. Mike wants you to vacation. You know what I'd take? I'd take the spellcast guy if I was going in Africa. What's his face? Okay, can we learn his name? <laughs> <laughs> that dude from Spellcast. Where would you take Robert? 
He'd be my Africa person. Kez would be my Australia person. She would you be take South Robert America. to Africa with you? I don't know. I, I get that vibe. I could see that. Him in Africa. He's and it like, would make me look cool in perspective, I think. He's a rich white guy from California. I'm not sure why you think he'd be helpful. <laughs> because he'd, let, you know, he'd, like, he'd get all the attention. I'd be kind of like the cool person on the side. You could take, you could yeah. take me to Africa because I like animals. There's no animals in my, uh, Asia? And I wouldn't take she to South America. I don't know why, but I have this weird feeling she'd get caught up in like the Colombia and drug trade or something. I don't know. That's exactly what I was like, going to say. Can't see, like, she, like, chopping through a rainforest to, like, some ruin in the middle of the rainforest? Mm. She bitches in the grocery store. I don't think I can see that. But she has survival skills. Like, she could survive. I need a mommy. I need a mommy. I need a mommy. No, she, she could not survive. You say that, but she's the person where, like, skills? she's the person where you're like, oh, she'd never survive, but, like, everyone else dies, and she's still there at the end. No, that's me. She podcasts from a fluffy, lazy boy recliner <laughs> with, like, 14 bottles of water next to her. Because she, she likes, you know, to be comfortable in her house, but if she had to, she would out-survive us in South America. I'm convinced Hold on. That. She wants to know how I got to go to the place without malaria. Hold on. Mike <laughs> is now insisting that you... You have strong survival skills. Did I ever tell you guys my deer in the city idea? What's that? You're really rich, right? And you kidnap like uh-huh. 10,000 deer and you ship them to the middle of like, preferably a city like New York City where it's an island. So you put them in the backs of vans, you drive like a thousand vans into New York City, and you release like 10,000 deer at like 5 a.m. in the morning. And then like, you have like, a deer. They have bridges. Day. The deer can get that's, off. I mean, Mike, that's bridges. terrible. But how many deer are going to walk across the bridge, especially with. They'll, they'll be hit by cars. Imagine how cool that would be. You turn the news on, and they're like showing New York City, and there's like 10,000 deer running everywhere, and they cancel school because of the deer. Once they find the bridge, I think Brooklyn is screwed. Hitler had one nut. I baited some of year three. All right, if we catch a ghost of Horace Slughorn skipping <laughs> holding hands with this other guy that we don't know, we'll know that's the PS chapter where she started. Wait, the ghost? Since when is he well, dead? No, I'm sorry, I'm thinking like of his great-grand... Who the hell are you... Who do you write about? Do you write about I his write father about... or grandfather? Huh? Great, who, who is, okay, your, oh no, your story's a... Ho- you know why he's so damn old? I can't remember <laughs> trying to do the generation. I know in your story there's a Slughorn. You like that? There is a Slughorn. There's a Slughorn. There's horse-drawn carriages outside because it's so damn long ago. It's 1925. It's the story where Dumbledore is 157. So when I hear the Civil War, I think great-great-great-grandfather. Plus, you have the whole thing where the story takes place in the 90s, so we just lost 15 years on that. The English Civil War was like a thousand years ago. No, it was a thousand years ago? What? (laughs) What did you think of the Percy storyline from him stopping the fight to his switching houses? Go ahead, P.S. You know all about switching houses. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, a resident expert, yes. Well, it kind of, I mean, it really threw me because, I mean, that really doesn't seem like it would work in canon. I mean, I don't think it really... PFW. Shut up. Harry's talking about his knickers. He does it twice. Girl, only girls wear knickers. Only, that's the <laughs> very first thing I thought. I'm like, knickers, knickers, you're wearing 
pants. <laughs> Harry, Harry's Harry, a cross-dresser. Maybe Harry is wearing knickers. Maybe Harry is wearing girls' underwear. <laughs> Don't judge yeah, because Harry. Because he talks about it. He talks about it at Christmas. He's only wearing his knickers under his robes. <laughs> you know, and then he's thinking about it again. You know that he's only wearing it later on when he finally gets to Malfoy Manor and, and wearing his knickers. It's like I wanted to reach through my screen and strangle Death Roll for writing knickers at that moment. You know, I'm like, you've done all this work to build Harry up. Clearly you have no respect for Harry who who enjoys girls' underwear. Where's your respect for the cross-dresser, Jen? I have no basis. I have no basis. Isn't girls' underwear just cooler than guys? I mean, wouldn't you rather wear girls' underwear? Of course I would, but I have no basis from the writing thus far in this fic that (laughs) that Harry is transgendered or a (laughs) cross-dresser. Or has I any- happen to think they're just more comfortable. <laughs> you know, because when I read it, <laughs> this is really bad. <laughs> uh, does anyone else have the vision now of the title of this episode being the, the Harry and Girls Underwear or something like that? Or Harry you know, I, I read about Harry and Girls Underwear. Yeah, I read, you know, Harry's wearing his knickers. <laughs> and I, you know, <laughs> Here's a picture of Harry's I, knickers. I, I, was I, thinking about, I was thinking about Harry and, you know, like a tea back, and I'm like, eww. <laughs> 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 but, you know, I'm thinking about Harry with butt floss, and <laughs> I'm thinking I think about. I'm just, I just think he likes frilly pink panties. <laughs> I just, you know, I didn't. When I read Harry's knickers, I'm not thinking about him and his wife front. So I'm thinking about him and some, you know, like bad lace. Song, <laughs> and and then I got over it. Oh man, this is see those panties. P.S. They're those are those are conservative compared to what. I <laughs> but then you know he's only, even... he's only okay. thirteen. He's pro- I mean he I mean later on he'll probably. I don't know if thirteen year old girls these days. P.S. I don't I'm know. not sure his equipment would fit in those panties. <laughs> <laughs> this is the highlight of this episode right here. <laughs> that do wear women's underwear. So what do they do with their thing? I think it falls out. Uh, they tape it ew. I thought they taped it to them, though. Okay, this is too much information. I too much information. Mike doesn't even want to think about putting tape on it, does he? No, I don't. No, <laughs> no I don't see Harry as a penis taper. <laughs> Let's just call it what that, it is, folks. That, it's biology. His thingy. <laughs> Good Sorry. God. How did we get onto this topic? Well, Death Row did it. He wrote Nicker. That's, that's, that's this the is title like, of the episode. He should have had a better Brit picker at that point. Harry Nickers is the title of this episode, yes. Not to skip ahead, but... Hallie, I'm sorry, I'm reading Ryan's Skype to us. What? Uh, what? She's the third person to tell us that 2020 is doing a piece on male preg tomorrow. Wait, what? And, what? Are you serious? Yeah, Wait, look, what open this? your Skype window. I know, I know. Wait, what, what, what I'm think? saying is Ryan. Yeah, because I've had two other people send me this message. Oh, my God. His headset isn't working well, is what he said. And he knows it works because he used it on Skype before. Can he hear us? Yes. Yes, he can hear us. But we can't hear him. That would seem to be the problem. We could just have one of us play the part of Death Row. I could be Death Row's voice. Yes. He has an odd voice. Yeah, I want to hear yeah, you be Death Row. No, wait, wait, wait. We really do need to do that. I am Death Row, obviously. <laughs> 
in the Death Rule universe, the deal is is that the Slytherins beat the snout out of the Gryffindors, and then the Hufflepuffs all die. <laughs> Crap, the author. All right. Um, is he back? City is restarting. Why is he wearing asbestos underwear? Do we know this? Because he's in the hot ass. And because he's afraid of being flamed. We've never flamed. Okay, Viridian. We flamed Viridian. Else, Hello? Hello? Speak if you wrote They Shook Hands. We dedicate this episode to our newest Pufuanian, Lee Russell. Lee was born to Jen and James this past Monday. We're so happy he's here. I'd like to say a few words. Please, let us bow our heads. Lee, may your door handle always break off from your car as you chase it across that field. May you always have enough dairy products as the firemen lift you from your flooded home. Be sure, be very sure, always to watch out for stickers in the backyard, little people at Walmart, and when you go to the hospital, always ask in advance what pills you're taking before you consume them. May you inherit your mother's gifts as a storyteller and your father's immune system. Know that you're very, very, very loved, and most importantly, know that Uncle Ryan and Auntie Danielle mailed you a drum set. Warning, in this fic, Harry and Ron are fascinated by boobs, so we talk about them a lot. If you like boobs, you're going to love this. So it's Ryan speak, and he's not here. Right. <laughs> that means we no, get to tear he, it apart. He gave him a pass because it's Danielle's birthday, and he's playing Wii Golf, I think. Is he playing Wii? Oh, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> it's doing, our hero. That's what he claims. That's what he claims he's doing. <laughs> I hear Ryan. I hear Ryan, too. He's yelling something about Ryan. Danielle. He was saying something about Danielle. getting whacked on the head. <laughs> it would be really awkward if we heard him playing something else. <laughs> Moving on. Which is actually a pretty good segue for this whole entire series because the whole thing is just nothing but... Ron's hormones! But. There's nothing else in this fic but Ron's hormones. Yeah, Ron, Ron is a bit... Um, he wants yeah. to play weak with Hermione. <laughs> Ron wants to look at Hermione's breasts. Ron all. never stops looking there. Oh. Do they not drink iced tea in Britain? I don't think they do. They might in Britain. They they only just need to drink pumpkin juice here. I'm sure by the 90s, iced tea must have got into Britain, like like all the other American import stuff. I just don't know how people live their life without iced tea. I don't drink iced tea. You don't? I like iced tea. I don't drink tea at all. I don't really (laughs) drink hot tea, but I drink hot and iced tea, yeah. Yeah, I don't drink tea at all. I don't drink any hot beverages. I don't really drink coffee either, so. No, I don't drink coffee. Good for you, Kaza. Good I don't drink coffee either, but I do Good drink for tea. all of us. Does anyone yeah. here drink coffee? Welcome back to Horrific Weekly. This is Ryan. Are we coffee-free zone? No. Yeah, I must drink coffee. No, I hate no? coffee. It's disgusting. coffee-free zone? Oh. Why did you think I would oh, drink geez. coffee? Brian. Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's spying on us. Yeah, we gave him the I night off so that he could celebrate I'll... Danielle's birthday, and he's on the text. Hey, Alyssa, why do you think I drink coffee? I'm just curious. Like, what about me makes you think I drink coffee? Because you're very... I don't know, very structured about everything. It just seems hey. to me coffee seems like a way to, I don't know, I just think I would picture you as a coffee drinker. I have Wikipedia and iced tea. Iced tea is becoming more popular beverage in the UK, not replacing hot tea. In the United States, iced tea is very popular as an alternative to carbonated drinks, especially in the hotter southern states. And yeah, I mean, iced, iced tea is just something you drink with dinner or lunch. 
I only have no, ice cream when I go to... There, there is no Australia reference. Uh, no. Hmm. Yeah, well, I think it's American. They had it. It says in the UK that that it's not that popular. Ice tea. There you go. They are way more naive about sex than I was at their age. I will say that. Yeah, like, I think that's unrealistic that they, like, don't even get the implication that number four was sex. What's number two? Mike, Mike, Mike. Ryan types in a little thing, says the guy who didn't get number 10, referring to Gen 2's fic about the ways to cure a common cold. You can read that one on Sci. Yeah. And then listen to the pan cast where Mike didn't get it. What's the, remind me what this is a reference to? Sex. Oh, wait, I don't know what this is referring to. That's right, yeah, yeah. What do you all think of Bill as the teacher, as data teacher? Mike thought Bill was evil. What? Did you I, think Bill was evil? I, I thought he was evil for the first eight chapters. Or maybe I thought 12. he was a terrible teacher, but I didn't think he was evil. Just as a Death Eater up until the brotherly conversation chapter. That was power of emotion, Mike. <laughs> I, I was really excited, too, for like 30 minutes when I thought I'd solve a big mystery really early on. I, like, PM'd uh, Ryan. Hi. Yes. What it was is that, I, and I was thinking whatever that, the one that we read before, power of, not power of emotion, uh, Whatever the one is where Narcissa's... Yes, power of emotion. Okay, yes, power of emotion. Um, seven, no. But anyway, the Wait, thing is, the data Bill is so mean to Harry. Well, Melinda, it is power of emotion. But Bill was tough on Harry in Seven Horcruxes, not power of emotion. No, no, no. He means where it's, Narcissa was the... Um, the was the oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and to me, emotion. Bill was being mean to Harry in a similar way, yeah. what I yeah. saw... Yeah. I didn't Still think mean. so. You know, I didn't I think, think was Bill was being mean at all. I just... There was Bill not backing up Hermione. There was the first time I heard the Mr. Potter thing. I thought it was like a slip of tongue from him as a Death Eater, I admit. I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong. And then also the forced lessons for... Every, like, I don't know. If I was in a teacher who told me I had to, had to learn that, I would, like, get up and walk out. I wouldn't sit there no, but for... I think that... But it reminded me of Moody in book four with... Um, no, but this is Harry. Harry does what he's told because he knows that if he doesn't do what he's told. He gets clipped around the head. Sure. He's expecting Susan to be this like really horrible person because of some things that I've been reading. <laughs> yeah. She's like non-existent. Like <laughs> I was expecting her to be really horrible, but what, what did she do that was so bad, Melinda? <laughs> Just that she snogged Harry? Yeah. Harry trusts her too. Harry told her the prophecy before he told Hermione or Ron. But she's his girlfriend. She's his girlfriend. I know she's his girlfriend, but it still shocked me. I, I guess it's a sign of how stupid. serious. She isn't she's not stupid. stupid. Why is she stupid? She's just, she bothers me. Where's little, Melinda? Little blonde and Susan <laughs> thing. Coming so in she, and I, I expected her to bother me, and she doesn't. I, yeah, I mean, just, you just, guys were like acting like she was like the devil bitch from hell. Yeah, I thought like, that she I was like her. a death eater or something. Because <laughs> she, like, just doing she, bad things to you, Harry. You just wait. She is the devil bitch from hell. You will Sorry, be. Just, I, I had to go and get my cord because I, my battery light went on and I was about to lose you all. We started talking about Susan. Oh, geez, I can back to you soon. I would have rather missed this whole conversation. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so vicious. <laughs> They're trying to say that, you know, Susan is not the devil witch from hell, and I'm just like, she is. She, she is. Freaking, freaking stupid. She's freaking just there is no reason to have her there. She's just useless. Well, it's Harry name to snog. What is wrong with that? <laughs> Her personality. There is no justification for that. I mean, quite honestly, I mean, as long as he winds up with Ginny in the end, I don't mind if he dates a trash can. Listen to her. She's so cute. She's 
Susan Shin's name's still in this bit. Obviously, she's not as well groomed in her HG loving because it's all right for Harry to date somebody that he really hey. has nothing in common with, and she's a big. Hey, there's no basis for oh, that. Wait, wait. Ron is the other one that needs has, to have another relationship looking. before Hermione. Harry already had this relationship with jo- Cho. He found yeah, out what it was he didn't like. Once Harry figures out where he's going, he goes for it. That's who Harry is. Ron is the one that needed to yeah, else. Yeah, but he, he wasn't know he, needs, he doesn't know he needs Ginny yet. He is trying. He doesn't I even, Susan. He doesn't, he doesn't need even, her at all. headed She's not. She's not. Everybody's so mean to her. <laughs> I hate her. Is there, is she didn't there any do anything. Besides she the didn't do anything. I was Come expecting on, Ryan. Just <laughs> and Susan. Hufflepuff solidarity. No, I'm a Hufflepuff, and I'm telling you right now, Susan's not a real Hufflepuff. She's been cast out. Get out. You know you don't belong. Make like a tree and get out of here. Oh, my Susan? God. <laughs> Susan is not a Hufflepuff. I made a note. I have a no, Gen 2 note about no Susan. Susan. What is the basis for that? Like, quite honestly, like, cite me yes. some passages where, yeah. no, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm serious. Cite me some passages where it says, like, Susan is not a Hufflepuff. She is a Hufflepuff. She should have not have been sorted to Hufflepuff as she is written in this book. But all she, she did was kiss Harry. Haven't gotten into this yet. Susan is not loyal. I'm canceling my vacation. I had to. No, come no, Ryan, you. You already said you were going to be here, and I told you right from the start that there was going to be a lot of Susan hate going on, and there is. So you just I had to just I had to just stop by for a moment. Number one, number one, I don't recall voting to give Melinda authority to banish people from House Hufflepuff. I don't recall that. Check the record. Maybe she slipped it into the farm bill or something. All right. Then too, standing over here with her arm length, being a diva. Susan's out. You 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 can be. Number two, I don't remember promising. Melinda and I have been having a little private text chat over here. I don't recall promising to name my first child Melinda. I don't recall that. I was typing after she started going on her little diva rant about how she wants her bottled water perfectly chilled, you know, in her in her green room before the podcast. I'm naming my firstborn Susan Melinda. And apparently, yes. I, I have to drop the Susan. Wait, can I ask a couple questions about Melinda here? I mean, about Susan here? No, let's no. talk about Melinda. What are your questions? We don't want to talk about Susan. Here's my question. Here's my question. Now, we're only... Basically, it's irrational hatred. I am not, now, I'm not really here yet. I'm not really here yet. I haven't finished my reading for the week. It's Danielle's birthday. You people heard me playing, you know, we golf. Thank God that's all you heard. And, you know, okay, you know what? So... Yo, you never know what could happen. It's like having a mic going in the White House Counsel's <laughs> office. It's very dangerous. Um, but oh, wait, you know, no, stop up. Don't worry about that. Oh, don't. Oh, you know, I love you people. I love getting you all together in one room. It's nice. But okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now, now, this is just going from memory for a lot of this. Sometimes you date someone and it just doesn't work out, and then you date someone else and you marry them and have twenty-seven children. Why, Melinda Leo, must you back over girlfriend? with your car. 
Tell with girlfriend A, we've already done this. It's redundant. Melinda Leo. Who was yes. now, the, now, your name is Melinda Leo because you have married a guy named Leo. Mm-hmm. Now, if memory serves, you met Leo, you know, very early on. He, you've you've known Leo forever and ever and ever. Is that yeah. accurate? Okay. It's you, true. you met him in, in okay. Sometimes it takes the rest of us a little bit longer. <laughs> we have to try people out. We kick the tires. We give it a shot. Doesn't work. We try someone else. It doesn't work. In my case, we try many someone else's. Then you meet them on Facebook, and they're all kindergarten teachers or goth or whatever. So please don't tell them I said that if you go on my Facebook account. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Did you That's- see Harry in the beginning of the story? His shoulders were hunched. He was very upset. But Susan makes him happy. But Susan was written in, and she is like the quintessential bad, heartbreaking relation. She's not a Mary Sue. Oh, she's a Mary Sue, Melinda Leo. She doesn't have wings. (laughs) Yeah, she she makes it all better for a while, but it's not. But what bugs me about it is that we've already done this with Harry. This was Cho. Cho was perfect in Harry's mind, too, before he, he actually started dating her. He kissed her once, her. and she started crying hysterically. It's not a date. She, yeah, that was a bad date. That was like, yeah, bad... he, needs, he needs a bad crush, and then he needs... Yeah, no, I think we only friend. saw one date in canon. I, my image of Harry and Cho is actually that, because that was, that went on for months. There had to be more interaction between them than just that kiss at Christmas and then the date on Valentine's Day. They, they, there was talking and things going on in between that we just didn't see every single minute of it. Well, and I sense in this story, from what I be. recall, there's going to be a little bit more than just talking going on. But, uh, but, okay, here's... No, I'm not reading that. I'm just a slither. Okay. <laughs> Linda is, I don't know any Hufflepuff who kick people out of their house. <laughs> That's like It's like Ted Stevens getting booted from the Republican <laughs> Party over here. This is like tragic. That's because she's birth- drop kickable. She's drop kickable. The <laughs> there you go, Jen. Here's the thing. In the beginning, Susan is a nice, quiet little Hufflepuff who makes Harry feel good about himself. Just yeah, have to have that moment. Come on, you people. But it, it, she just doesn't go with him. I mean, why? How? What is the basis of this? You're so mean. You're just a nice girl. They went oh, on a date. It. You know what I, I say? Melinda, God help your children when they start to date. They're going to bring their little friends over to go to the prom, and you're going to be like, oh, do you want to have children? <laughs> How many children do you want? And then you look at your son. Oh, you're not remotely compatible with this woman. <laughs> little 13-year-old out onto the front walk and, like, knock her down the last step. Tram. I, I think they went to the damn ball together. I don't think it's that bad. I think Susan in the next of the chapters gives us much to think about. And with that, I'm going back on At the vacation. end of this spic, Ryan, do you believe yes. Susan is loyal? Do I believe she's loyal? That is not yes the or question, no question. I was asked. Yes well, well, or no question. You know my answer to that. I'm not going to spoil anyone, but I, here's the thing. Well, then she deserves I, to be kicked no. out of Hufflepuff. She's not loyal. Who thought she was just going to say killed? And Peter Pettigrew <laughs> killed a man that he's supposed to be loyal to. Sometimes it doesn't work well, but listen to me. Shut here's up, the thing. Here's the, here, here, okay, here's the, here's the final point I have. Sometimes you date people and it doesn't go well, but you learn from it. And based on the fact that you learn from it, you're a better person when you meet that special someone, perhaps with red hair. God bless you. 
your children when they start to date Melinda Leo. I still don't think you can vote people out, but I'm going to look into it. Have a lovely <laughs> evening, everyone. I'm going to play We Golf. <laughs> I submit that any sincere person would have concluded from a review of the record that Melinda Leo does not offer the slightest iota of proof that Susan Bones had an unusual affinity for communist causes. I therefore conclude that Melinda Leo's charges and insinuations are not only false, but utterly irresponsible and under the circumstances, reveal a shocking disregard for the interests of Hufflepuff. She's my favorite character now. She can come <laughs> if to she remains your, if she remains your favorite character, you don't you dare podcast on the story with me the next time I'm on. Because <laughs> <laughs> I will have a Susan Bash session. Honestly, no matter what she does, she'll probably still be his favorite character. Look who his favorite characters are. Once Half Blood Prince came out, the only role Susan had was to get her leg blinched off. <laughs> <laughs> you turned me into a Susan Harry shipper, Melinda. Yeah, but uh, Mike, hon, you're just looking to be anything but a Harry Ginny shipper, so it's yes, really I not am. a lot of me. I think that means he <laughs> yes, is I a am. Harry Ginny shipper, don't you, Melinda? Yeah, he probably secretly is, too. We'll turn him. I actually didn't pick up a lot of picky mistakes, and normally I get very shirty when people get it wrong. And I didn't actually pick up a lot of them. I think I might be getting immune, and I'm not noticing them anymore. You noticed them. You might have just been aggravated with something else. I've been very aggravated lately. I was aggravated with Ron's hormones. It's like he's just one big hormone in this fic. I just, <laughs> you turn it, respect to turn around, it's like going to be oozy everywhere all over the castle. Hogwarts is going to be covered in, like, Ron hormone slime because he's just been, <laughs> like, mo- <laughs> every time he walks, he's been walking around the castle for months going, Hermione, Hermione, where for Arthur, Hermione. And he doesn't say that, that Shakespeare, and he doesn't even know who Shakespeare is. How do you get Shakespeare from Shakespeare? You know, I just think that's dumb. And they're so hormonal. It's just, you'd think that that's all they would get done is being locked in their four-poster with an imperturbable charm, because they just wouldn't be able to think. Oh, I'm surprised that Ron gets anything else done in this city, quite honestly. <laughs> because... All he does is think about Hermione and mourn after Hermione and get jealous of everyone else who gets closer to Hermione than him. And he thinks about her boobs and her legs. And I'm just like, can but you do anything for, else? Like, for a hormonal teenage boy, isn't that kind of normal? I don't know. I've never beaten one. <laughs> Where's Ryan when we just, need him? But, yeah, I think, yeah, we don't have any boys here, but it's like, you mean, they can, I mean, isn't that a running joke about the stupidest things they can get turned on by? when they're in school and they worry about that. I mean, I think that that's the way it works. Because, see, the thing is, in canon, and all we've got from Harry is his silly monster in his chest, right? <laughs> because I think Joe was trying to avoid writing this sort of thing where they're just, like, too many almost. Like, obviously, Harry was full of them in Half-Blood Prince. <laughs> but she spared us the agony having to read about it. <laughs> I'm not saying the chess monster was the perfect choice, but at least we didn't have to read, you know, oh, Jenny, all the time, like. <laughs> or he didn't have an erection. <laughs> you don't say that. <laughs> she just didn't write about it. A monster might have had one. <laughs> I think the monster was one. Ryan's going to frown on us now. He's going to have to put this in a quick section. <laughs> We just spent oh, how many episodes talking about the fact that you gave him his first one, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he knows what to expect.
Shrek from Melinda Leo. <laughs> okay, and speaking of Ron's hormones, I just couldn't believe that he was in the moment, you know, with Hermione or right before the moment. You know, he goes off to see Bill. Where? When was that? I don't remember. He interrupted the moment to go see Bill just to make sure he was doing it right? Well, no, I don't think that he did. <laughs> I don't think he interrupted the moment, but, you know, he's always going to Bill and asking him all of these really pointed sex questions. And I just never really saw Ron as, you know, confiding in Bill quite that much. When they have a meeting that's um, all the teachers and Harry and Ron and Hermione and... Any of the order t- gets together, Bill always has some information. What if it's Fleur? Yeah, I've, oh, no. yeah, I thought it was Fleur. That's who I thought it was. Oh, I, say I I'm not as dumb as I sound. When, when oh. I was reading it, I thought it was Fleur. Because he sleeps over her house, you know. A yeah. lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and then he leaves notes on her pillow when he has to leave in the morning. Oh. He's done number four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're just getting silly at this point. <laughs> I'm very silly. I think Ron is infecting us with his hormones. Well, it's like the hormones are bleeding out of the thick and all over my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> The name of the whole bedroom. Ron's hormones bleeding into Kevin's bedroom. That is just where I happen to alone by myself. That makes it sound worse. <laughs> it looked like a common prostitute. It started out slow. I mean, it started out with basically Ron hormones. <laughs> Once you get into the last two chapters of tonight's Ended week, with the Ron hormones. More of the real plot. Yeah. Like, at first it was just a bit much of... <laughs> I just think of Kaz's line about the little puddles of Ron's hormones all over her floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, first it's little puddles of Ron's hormones all over the burrow, and then Ron's hormones all over. And it's just jealousy slapping everyone in the face all over the train. <laughs> Every time he sees Eddie Carmichael, as you can see, just see his... I can, I've got this picture of this jealousy's big hands, you know, slapping out from Ron and, like, hitting everybody. You know, I am jealous of you. <laughs> so you know, Kaz, uh, Ron does have big hands. And feet. <laughs> well, it's actually kind of telling and interesting from the way he's acting. He has a chess monster too. Yeah, but the the scene the the scene at the beginning when Eddie is mooning over Hermione in the Great Hall, and yeah. uh, Ron has the banana in his hand. <laughs> And then later on, something happens. It's like, Rod squashed another banana. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm going to, you know, every time I see Ron with a banana, I'm just going to start laughing. (laughs) He should be glad it's just the banana in his hand that he's squashing, not something else. (laughs) Well, then something else would be all over Hogwarts in addition to his hormones. (laughs) Ron doesn't know his own strength. This is compelling podcasting. <laughs> I'm just thinking it would be a bit of a worry if he was doing that in the Great Hall, wouldn't you say? <laughs> I'm glad he's only holding a banana. <laughs> well, they have ropes. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious even with the ropes. <laughs> it could be under the table, you know, sweet Jared. <laughs> Far enough, that would all <laughs> Them to have asthma medication. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I'm going to have to get out Elizabeth's nebulizer. I'm going to this podcast to generate it into. <laughs> oh, I have tears dripping down my face. <laughs> I was going to say, you realize <laughs> Gonna get teased mercilessly for this. <laughs> it's Ryan's fault. He took a vacation. Ryan's <laughs> right. He's sick. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's, it's it's his fic. If he wanted to steer the ship, he should have been here. <laughs> so, is there anything you know else about the fic that we feel compelled to talk about no, tonight? That's the main thing. I'm trying to center myself. I think that initially, if I may be sensible for a moment, that I feel that initially I thought that Hermione was going to be super hot chick Hermione with superb um, magical skill and that she would therefore be like a goddess in all manner of things, including those activities of a sexual nature. I was happy to discover that, in fact, she drops the act and becomes the Hermione that we all know and love, even if she does have an unnatural fascination with Shakespeare. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. And I enjoy that part of the fic that I enjoy the characterization of Hermione and I feel that most of the time it fits with canon and my own expectations. I cannot say the same for Ron, although I am not surprised that he is indeed a very sexual being. (laughs) (laughs) That took all my energy to be... You said you were you said you said you were centered. Well, I think, oh, I I think attracted by Ron's really big shoes. <laughs> really big shoes to fit his really big feet. Has anyone ever wondered exactly what shoe size Ron wears? <laughs> he does. I'm have sure a it's long I'm sure it's X X X large. <laughs> I'm sure he has to get some special Quidditch. It's a special order is Quidditch equipment. Gloves, right? He needs to find gloves that can fit. Yeah. And he needs to find something to protect his banana. <laughs> you cannot do that. I have to pee so bad. <laughs> Just hear her crying it was over pink sensible. In the great hall, at least. <laughs> Not in the air. I think we've lost complete control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gave my summation of the fic. I feel that you should reciprocate. I'm acting like I'm on Peoncast. Well, it's kind of like the peons have taken over tonight, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was. It was Peoncast. I, mean, I think that's why. Jan and Ryan and G, none of them are here, so. No. And we Ah, but see, the difference is we're not peons anymore. That's right. right. We had let us upstairs. Usurped the position. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We had a very on-topic podcast tonight, too. 
we did. For the most part. <laughs> for the most part. Although I guess two weeks Ron Cuomo we're on topic tonight, but even that was okay. It, it, it's, still, it's still relevant. It's still relevant. Banana. But there was a banana in the thing. Yeah, there was a banana in the thing. Yeah. Several of them. <laughs> they should grow a tree. We talked about a whole bushel of bananas. I really wish I could say it, banana. I think that sounds so much cooler. What, like banana? Yeah. Banana. A whole bushel of bananas. A bushel of bananas. <laughs> I've got... Um, what's that, what's that song? Um, the song, the song. What's the banana song? They come in, they wanna go home. Come home. Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me bananas. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, like, come in, wanna go home. It's <laughs> an appropriate plot to end this with. There you go. Well, what are we reading next week? Um, right, I think fix cheaply, not on Keon Cast. Let's double check. Deo, Deo, Deo. Next week, oh gosh, next week appropriately enough, episode 69. (laughs) 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 Oh god, I know exactly where this is going. Go on. I picked this fic, I put it on the podcast, and then I wasn't here when we started with it, but it's okay because Keza was here and she discovered bananas. So everything worked out. I put a bunch of women with hormones on the podcast with Ron's banana. So unfortunately, it did not bode well for us all. Last week, I guess there was some issue with Susan Bones. Was there some wank? No way! My goodness, the vilification of that poor little Hufflepuff was beyond belief. Dear sweet June Cleaver Melinda Leo, not so much. Melinda Leo... Throw her out on her ear. And I said, hey, wait. But no, Gen 2 is on her side. And I think they have won over PS. And you know what PS is like? When she converts, she really converts. When PS converted the first time, we were all like, whoa, dude. Like, this is like seismic. It's like, (laughs) whoa, this is big. The next week, when they have another seismic shift... They're kind of like a flip-flopper. Now P.S. is converting. Now she's against Susan, where before she was with Susan. I just, I have to think that P.S. is taking her marching instructions from Melinda Leo, who is the ringleader of the anti-Susan movement. And unfortunately, Melinda and Gen 2 could not be here tonight. <laughs> Apparently, Susan Bones is so evil, so utterly unloyal, that Melinda Leo has banned her from Hufflepuff House. Think about that. Hufflepuff has banned somebody. What I think happened is I think Melinda Leo is just a very bitter woman. And I think Gen 2 is a follower, not a leader. And I think PS just has no idea what is going on and is just following Gen 2. That is what I think happened last week. Maybe um, if Melinda Leo and Gen 2 can make it back in one of the next three podcasts... Maybe we can we can find out exactly what she did that was so awful, so terrible that we had to ban her from the house of the hugging people. Keza, I just want to say I salute you for holding your ground last week. And I haven't listened to the podcast yet, so perhaps you are a fellow flip-flopper. But she was either going to be like a Death Eater or cheat on him. 
or something like really vile. She was really good for Harry for 87% of the whole story. (laughs) Man, that ain't bad. I'm looking for Death Eater Susan. I'm not finding her. She goes there. She lops off the head of the snake. It's not until she doesn't see Harry in the hospital wing that I start thinking, hmm, not so good Susan. I think it's fabulous that, like, for the duration of the story, it's like, well, there's Voldemort and bad wizards, but there's also boobies! <laughs> I, I have been 16 before. I have yet to be a 16-year-old male. So I, I really don't know if that's completely accurate or, like, it's absolutely accurate. I'm sorry. But it's what you would think. It's, like, it's what I would imagine a 16-year-old boy was like. It really you know? is. And you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> They're at boarding school, and there's, like, seven teachers in the entire castle. And, like, the entire chastity force of the school is an old guy and his cat. Like, I can't believe that this does not happen on a routine basis. It's not that I don't think it happens at all. It's just like a lot of these stories that do the quote-unquote adult side of Hogwarts, it, it just kind of, to me, it's a little bit alarming. Oh, yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, it sounds really seedy, I find. Yes. That they, yes, they everybody exactly. is just having sex everywhere, all the time, in the Great Hall, in front of Filch, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like... What fix did like you read? It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> No, I can't let you get away with that, because this is how Melinda Leo starts. She she tells one lie. But sometimes, honestly, it feels like they're going to school at Bob's Country Porn Dorm. (laughs) (laughs) If there's anyone more hormone-infested than Ron in this fic, it's Harry. It's it's Harry. Oh, my gosh. It's like you get this... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, he's so completely fixated. It is not... actually say at one point... I know there's a whole lot of stuff going on, but look at her boobs. <laughs> I know. It's like, yeah, my life sucks, but she's got boobs. <laughs> that captures the 16-year-old male so well. But you know what really bugged me? Was the way that Harry kept calling her suit. I know this is petty of me, but I just it sounded unnatural. Every time he said it, it just looked wrong. I liked it because I, with that. I didn't like it. I thought he should call her Susan because that's her name. I have a question for <laughs> Sue right here. Sue, as you read the story, and every time he said, I love you, Sue, did you look up from your computer and hear over your head, turn around? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, yeah, I don't see her as a Sue either, and and that actually would throw me out because I was yeah, like, "Whoa, somebody's talking to me!" Oh no, no, it's not me. But we don't know her. How do we know she's not a Sue? <laughs> like she had three lines. I think maybe it's because it makes me think of Mary Sue. I don't know, but she's Susan Bones. She's never been anything but Susan Bones, and to hear Harry call her Sue just really grated my nerves. One thing that grated my nerves was when and Sue Sue. The podcaster can back me up on this. When Ron would call Hermione Miney. Oh, I my hate text that. Reader, my text reader caught it as Mione. And I'm like, <laughs> who the hell is Mione? And why is she in bed with them? Like, I was very <laughs> And for the first, I don't know, three or four chapters, it was Edie. And I thought, well, that is a really weird name. And then finally, it, it was spelled a little different. I don't know what the difference was. But finally, the text reader said Eddie. And I was like, oh, it's Eddie. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, and then it went back to Edie. And I was really, You're like, who is this I, lesbian that's learning with her mind? <laughs> <laughs> Am I the only yeah. one picturing Marty Crane's dog right now from Frasier every time we talk about him? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I wasn't. Well, there you go. <laughs> Try and take the fix seriously from this point forward. They have the house system in Hogwarts. They have the Hufflepuffs, the Ravenclaws, they have the Slytherins, they have the Gryffindors. Since when could the, the Hufflepuffs just hang out in the Gryffindor common room all day? That not <laughs> defeat the purpose of, of the secret club. The only time that we ever really see Susan in the Gryffindor common room is after the attack. Mm-hmm. Is there a lot, though? Well, no, because there was the references to Harry was in the Hufflepuff common room, and I think that was before the... No, they don't. They're not in the Hufflepuff common room. They go up to the astronomy tower. Astronomy tower. Susan Bones advanced astronomy stuff and has a key. <laughs> Huh. No, but didn't they things that we don't know in the Well the one thing I love about the Astronomy Tower, that is a multi purpose room at Hogwarts. Like seriously, you can get killed up there, you can have sex up there, you can have astronomy lessons up there, you can have duels up there. Everything happens in the astronomy tower in every fic I've ever read. Dragons? Yeah, the dragons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll let them go. Well wouldn't that be awful if like in the first year Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Neville or whoever the hell it was went up to release the dragon and there's like seventeen people having sex up there and like, Oh god, they ran back down Charlie has to loop around with the planes are in the hazard zone. <laughs> They're only 11, so they're probably going, Professor McGonagall, what was that? Is it wrong that I was totally aroused by that? She pulls him into a classroom and they begin kissing. And all of a sudden, like, the lights turn on and McGonagall is there in the tartan dressing gown and she's got the lantern from Sorcerer's Stone. Her lips are in a thin line. And I've realized with every fic... Her lips are in a thin line, and Dumbledore is older than he has ever looked. But anyway, her, her lips are in a thin line, and she's glaring at them. And Ron looks over, and the best line from the, from the story is, And like an idiot, he waved. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, can you imagine? Like, the lights come on, his arms are around her, they've obviously been kissing, their lips are swollen, Hi. and he waves. In case she missed him, he waves. <laughs> You have one hour. I liked the sort of persona that Voldemort had. They're in the room. Voldemort's, you know, taunting them, whatever, and they all making a noise. And he's like, I cannot think for all this shouting. (laughs) And it's just this flamboyant Voldemort. I thought it was fantastic. Draco and Lucius are having a bit of a conversation, and Lucius says something to Draco like, you're very disappointing, and Draco's like, I am happy to disappoint you. (laughs) They're rescuing Luna at the mansion, and Lucius comes across them. What's this, Lucius said Riley, rubbing his chin. Some of our brethren taking the lovely Miss Lovegood out for a nighttime frolic in the cemetery. And it just sounded like it should belong to Snape. It reminded me of when he says to Lupin, Well, uh, Lupin, out for a little walk in the moonlight, are we? I just cracked up laughing, and it just really reminded me of Alan Rickman. I felt like that line could like come straight from Snape. I just really loved the dialogue in those sections. There was some really good dialogue. But, you know, the best part of that, this second half of the fic, I actually think I preferred it to the first half because I really liked all the action and, and the way the plot got really intense. I'm reading along. And Bill gave McGonagall a significant look. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can never think of significant glances again because of this. Really like about Ron and Hermione, you know, deciding to do the deed. I was reading it, and she sends him that note on the pink parchment, and then he like gets himself all worked up, and he goes to see Bill, and Bill was hilarious. I loved it. He like gives him a book. 
<laughs> it did get <laughs> Phil. Phil was in. He's read the book. Often they sound the same, you know, all the, all the guys are going, what if I'm bad at it? All the girls are thinking, what if he doesn't fit? But this one had some really original... <laughs> I was wondering what the girls think of. Thank you, Kaza. Thank you. That's what the girls are thinking. Hermione says to him, I'm ready for sex. And he's like, that is so cool. <laughs> Just like, should be any more uncool. The full meaning began to sink in. And he realized he'd never had sex before, ever, which meant he might just stink at it. Then he remembered what Bill said, and he was positive he'd stink at it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I'm afraid I'll and suck at it. Don't worry. worry. You will. Just assume you're going to. He starts to worry. He's like, I'm going to be terrible, and I'm going to be bad at it, and I'm going to look really ugly without my clothes on. <laughs> this is so realistic. Not mm-hmm. just the cliche thinking stuff, because I remember thinking those same things. I won't know what I'm going to do. I'll be really bad at it, and I'll look terrible because I'll be naked. (laughs) When they're on the Quidditch grounds, which I find an incredibly romantic place to, you know, together with the young lady, Hermione is, like, spasming across the grounds. And then Ron, you know, brilliant Mensa kid that he is, like, um... Did you? It's like, I'm like, uh, what? I love, people yeah. are talking about the banana conversation for the last episode. <laughs> Renna, do you remember the banana? No, oh, I have no idea what you're talking every about. Time Eddie, every time Eddie Carmichael would stare at Hermione's cleavage, Ron's in the Great Hall, and he would have a banana in his hand, and he would squeeze it, and the banana would explode everywhere. Oh. <laughs> I'm smelling what you're stepping in. Okay. What? It's a colloquialism. It means I get where you're going. Come on. You can tell some of the things from reading this where fandom was at the time. Bill comes into the hospital wing and tells Ron, okay, you have to come up to the headmaster's office. He's back and he wants to see you. Who wants to see me? Dumbledore wants to see me? No, the giant squid. Of course Dumbledore wants to see you. I can't even remember where it comes from, where Dumbledore is the giant squid. So I was amused by that. <laughs> I actually thought that Dumbledore was Harry for like a year and a half. That was well before Pansy Parkinson was a garden gnome, but I was convinced that Dumbledore and Harry were one and the same. 98% of the sex scenes in fan fiction were written by 14-year-olds who have never dreamt of sex. Harry was discussing his first time with Susan. And he says, you know, it wasn't that great for her because it, it, was, it was very, very painful. But then they waited like five minutes and tried it again and it worked fine. <laughs> It's magic virgin powers. I mean, come on. (laughs) Well, all I have to say is this. One minute, oh boy. One minute, and he was so proud of himself. And then he gets to the, what is it, like one of the next times, and he gets to five minutes, and he's like, I'm king of the world. I love the scene when when Ron walks into the Great Hall and is like, good morning, Hogwarts, and he's hugging Draco. <laughs> he's like patting all the first years on the head. I think it was Ron was like, Hermione, we can't. There's like seven other people in the room. And I'm like, you almost just did it on the Quidditch pitch. Sure, they. It's like, come on. What a wank. So Why didn't they kill her parents either? Laziness? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Plot hole. Well, because we need them for the sequel. That's pretty much the reason. Because that would be more angst in the story. The author didn't need because you have to write her mourning them. And that would get in the way of the boobies. Yes. <laughs> That is correct. You don't want to have too much negative. Because it would um, be inappropriate for Ron to fill her up. <laughs> well said. And that, children, concludes our fairy tale. I hate this in every fic I see it in. You know, they're in the Great Hall, and something awful has happened. 
So someone marches in, and they look grave, and Dumbledore looked older than he ever has, and McGonagall's lips were it, were so much of a thin straight line, like like she looked like the character from the Charlie X episode of Star Trek with no mouth. And they walk over, and you look up, and you your immediate thought is, everyone I've ever met who is not sitting at this table has been tragically killed in, like, a freak pasta plant accident. And, they, and you look up at them, and you say... What is it? Tell me. I can take it. And they're like, I need you to follow me to my office. I can't tell you here. Picture the Order of the Phoenix video game. You follow him up 23 flights of stairs. Then you cut through the aqueduct. Then you're lapelling up the side of the (laughs) castle. And then you finally walk into the office. And you're like... (gasps) And then you sit down, and they're like, we're sorry, your parents have been tortured. Like, why couldn't they tell her that back down at the bottom? Like, could they have used a classroom or something? Like, that was the thing that always gets me. I need you to accompany. And on the way, they said nothing. That's very... Very unnatural. <laughs> you have to climb the outside of that tower and you don't actually get to do anything. It doesn't lead anywhere. That noise, you have to climb it to get the points and everything, but you can't actually go anywhere. And you just have to climb back down to the aqueduct. Drives me nuts. Woohoo, geek! I'm waiting for the one where on the last day of school, she and Jen are on their boat. They're going back over the Great Lake and the boat flips over and neither of them can figure out what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to happen in Melinda's next fic. No, Melinda's next fic, I'm going to be the first one to go. It'll be like, it's, and the random Hufflepuff was shot. <laughs> no, Susan will be the first you to go. Susan, yeah. She'll yeah. take yeah. you out on the way down. Susan's going to die, Ryan, and Susan's casket's going to kill you. There was a funeral, and the widow's in the, in the passenger seat of the hearse, and the hearse stopped short, and the casket flew forward and hit the widow in the back of the neck and broke her neck and killed her. <laughs> so the, the running gag is that's how I'm going to go. Can you imagine getting through your whole life and get hit with your husband's casket? Oh, it's just like a bloodbath in here today. Because I'm a little hazy and confused. The story is called The Book of Morgan Le Fay, and I've missed You're something, not... and I'm not... Well, this is this is like when we covered The Coven of Echoes, and Keza pulls me aside <laughs> before the podcast and says, can you please explain to me what, what is up with The Coven of Echoes? I, that was the one point in the story I was fuzzy on. The book has, like, a power over Luna, doesn't it? Yes. 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 Yeah, okay, just checking. How dumb are you? He refers to his penis as Mr. Shaft. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like from my fellow Americans where he refers to it as the first penis. He doesn't walk around saying, good morning, Mr. Shaft, how are you today? I mean, he needs it. No, but he refers to it like a person. Like, now I've got to get Mr. Shaft under control. <laughs> it's like, what? Is Mr. Shaft a new cat? Is it going to hang out with Mrs. Norris? I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, don't go there. Oh, <laughs> Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Well, it's so hard to talk about this because there's so many serious moments, and then there's... Boobies! <laughs> <laughs> this fake is just it's full of Ron and, and his hormones and they're just oozing out all over the castle. That's why I feel so grumpy all the time. Just clean that up. <laughs> like black lights that they use in hotel rooms on like Dateline when they're trying to show where all the semen stains are. They need one of those on the red couch in the common room. They need the astronomy tower. <laughs> I would be afraid to teach up there. Like that was ridiculous. <laughs> Professors in this room must be a really sound sleeper or have her offices are on the other end of the castle or something. She moved into the dungeons because Snape is gone for so much of the fic. Okay, let me talk about two scenes here that are somewhat serious before I lose my nerve when we talk about boobies. Is the author going to make Snape good or bad? 
when Snape actually turned around and started being on the right side, I don't know how to put that, in my head I could hear that, he's good and there's gold at the end of the rainbow, darn it. <laughs> oh, God, Jen. I could hear in my head. He's good and, and my... he's good and you can hear Melinda going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading books and I can hear the podcast in my head. I don't know if this is a good thing. <laughs> Well, my favorite was in the seventh Horcrux. There's a scene at the end where Harry is eye to the railroad tracks, and Snape is pouring drought of the living death down his throat, and Harry is trying not to swallow, so Snape, like, holds his nose shut to force him. I remember thinking as I read this, don't worry, Harry, he's on your side. It's going to work out. And then 20 years later, Snape is rotting in prison after making a full confession. I'm like, don't worry. It's all a front. He's a spy for Dumbledore. So I never wanted to get Snape's on the back. Like, he could shoot Hermione in the head. I'd still be like, it's okay. Dumbledore wanted him to do that. She's like Claire from Heroes. It's going to work. When he turned out to start saving the day, I'm like, yes! I am really eager, Heather, to see what you think about the second part of this story. Well, I am very excited to read it. Did you like the significant glance when they coordinated strategies there? I don't have any idea what you're talking about. All right, let's set it up for a minute here. Wait a minute, so is is this really... uh, what? So, George disappeared. Why? Did he go for a booty call? Is no, that all we don't know? But George it's, can give Justin a significant glance, and Justin knows exactly what to do. I'll give you the perfect example, okay? You're out on a date with me, okay? And we're sitting at the table, and all of a sudden, I vanish. I'm, like, beamed away like Star Trek. And you're sitting at the table, you're like, oh, my God, what happened to Ryan? So you run back to the Puffwa house, and you're like, guys, this is absolutely ridiculous. What the hell do you think? Just Ryan just disappeared. And all of a sudden, I come walking in. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Hey, Rena, looking good. So I give, you know, a significant glance to someone else in the room, and that person's like, ah, okay. And they walk over, and they shoot you. Oh, so there wasn't any point for that. Yes, there was no point. Oh, okay, all right, I get it. From a significant glance. So is the George in the house an imposter? No. No. How the heck would Justin know to memory charm the guy just from having been glanced at? I could have been brainwashed to shoot everyone in this room. Instead, he memory charms the person who knows the disappearance. And we laughed. So now in any fic, Justin is the gayest character in the world, and George is asexual, so the, the running gag is they just stare at each other and give significant glances. So were they doing it or not? No. Woohoo! Done! And I'm really interested to see what Keza thinks. I really am too. Will she flip-flop? Perhaps. The thing that may put a kink in your plans is that I'm actually not on the podcast for the next next week. That's three more podcasts on Hermione's boobs, for those of you keeping track. And Lavender Browns love the fandom, so we cannot do an interview, so perhaps we will just talk about boobs for the entire hour. Well, I didn't manage to blow up a toilet today, but one of my preschoolers managed to overflow the toilets today. Oh, Sue, congratulations. There is nothing nothing better than poop. Someone definitely (laughs) named the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) My daughter is potty training. Yes. And she's doing very well. The problem is, is that if she's going to go to the potty, she refuses to wear pants. So she is naked. From the bottom down, 
And it just bothers me. You'll grow out of it. It's not a very good time of year for my daughter to be half naked. Well, you know, she's skipping around the house, skipping, 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 running, skipping, yes. running. And then the next thing you know, she's like, I pee, I pee, I pee, I pee, I pee, I pee, mommy. Uh-oh. Uh oh, uh-oh, mommy! Uh-oh. Oh no, uh-oh. she has a she has a little pink potty chair. She's very fond of it. She drags me in there. She's like, "Look, I pee." We get rid of it, and then no sooner than we get rid of it, she goes skipping, 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 skipping. I poop. I poop. I poop. I poop. I poop. <laughs> I'm just like up to my eyeballs in baby shit. <laughs> As it goes down the plumbing, she's always, she's like, bye-bye, poopy. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye, poopy. When I was being potty trained, there was a bush in my backyard. And apparently I was outside playing with my dad one day. And I decided to be a big boy and pee on the bush. So I peed on the bush. So now I'm in the middle of potty training, all right? Now, I live in New England, so we get storms all the time. So there there was a bad snowstorm that night. And I go into my mom and dad's room in the middle of the night, and I, like, wake my dad. I, like, grab his hand, and I shake his hand. I'm like, Dad, I have to go pee. He's like, okay, buddy, let's go. I start putting my coat on. I would only pee on the bush. <laughs> so I made him. We had to get dressed up, and I had to go in the backyard. I don't know how I pulled this on. So I went in the backyard, and I, I peed in the bush at 3.30 in the morning. That was my thing. <laughs> my daughter will not be peeing on any bushes. That you know of. We went on a camping trip, and... um. Of course, we were doing like the whole dig the hole thing when you, <laughs> you need to go to the toilet. And I, I just needed to do a wee this one time. And mum's like, oh, there's some long grass over there. Just do it. I'm like hopping around. And she just takes a picture of me when I'm squatting in the long grass. I've got a photo of me <laughs> peeing on the grass. Oh, can that be your forum, like, avatar thing? <laughs> <laughs> you want me to put it up? But even when she says that, <laughs> peeing on the grass... <laughs> <laughs> now, there was a tanker explosion tonight? Yes, there was. You know what that means? What does it mean? Time to podcast. And welcome back to Pirate Weekly. This is Ryan. Hi, I'm Rena. Okay. All right, let's try that one more time. Let's let Rena go first because there was a tanker truck explosion. I think we have to talk about Keza and Susan. Oh, look, okay. Skank. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, let, yeah, let's talk about Susan. Well, uh, actually, 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 I before we talk about Susan, can I ask one thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to know what Keza thought about Draco in this story. Draco Malfoy is... Well, see, I'm, I'm only up to chapter 16. And at first, I thought he was like a male skanko. Then I started to feel sorry for him. And I'm sitting on the fence with Ron and Han- Harry going, can't believe I feel sorry for this kid. So let's I get back to the Susan thing. Susan is indeed the ice bitch from hell. And no, she is not. I am last man standing. Sue, are you Sorry. with me? Sue, <laughs> Sue and Ducks were Hufflepuff. Did you read the point at which she dumped Harry and said, I still love you, and then turns around and starts dating somebody else? Okay, Sue at Duxford, where do you stand? Now, I'm, I'm offering you complete protection here. Don't be afraid to speak your mind. Where do you stand on Suegate? Your namesake right here. What do you think? I uh, was firmly in the she is not evil camp. I'm thinking that she is still very weak and that she should not have gone up to Harry at the uh, 
trial and sort of rubbed his face in the fact that she had a new boyfriend. Maybe I'm just misreading the scenes, or maybe I'm just reading them differently. This is what I think of Susan. She's someone who, she doesn't cheat on Harry. She doesn't dump him because things get difficult. She's with him throughout the year. She helps him throughout she the year. She doesn't dump him because things get difficult? She Excuse me? She dumps him after things get difficult. It's not like, for example... Okay, so you know what I just heard? Blah, 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 blah. And then afterwards, she decides and probably admits, look, I'm a weak person. I can't do this. I need to walk away. But she says, I still love you. And then, like, weeks later, she's bawling Terry Boo. Okay, how many women is Harry juggling in Chapter 16? Oh, my gosh, that is so funny. We're talking about Chapter... They're like the Chicken McNuggets. It's like Collect All Five. He's got a Slytherin, a Gryffindor, a Hufflepuff, a Ravenclaw. We're talking about Chapter 2 and Chapter 3 when Harry is still pining over a picture of her. Now, let me put you this Okay, no, okay, I, wait a minute. Wait no. a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Go, go, go. You cannot, okay. This is also a 16-year-old boy thinking that his world is over because he's no longer getting laid on a regular basis. <laughs> I'm a Hufflepuff. I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt. There's nothing in Susan's in the writing of Susan that's made me hate her already. I'll put it that way. Yeah, it's oh. in Harry's reactions. It's not in Susan. I'm sure she's a very decent, you know, she's not a decent girl. Let's face it, she's a skank coat. The point is that <laughs> how many feel- people did harry have in chapter 16 he felt very remorseful for kissing daphne and jenny on the same day thank you very much he kissed them very uh-huh. and he kissed them he kissed them there's a big joke about terry <laughs> splinting his willy off All right, can I say so this? that means that he needs it the best moment about that was when you find out that he splinched his his willy off, and Harry's like, "Oh, the oh the poor bastard! Oh, that's I'll, I should send him a card." And he's like, "Yes, yes." Ron comes back with a, a license test, and he instinctively checks himself. Harry. <laughs> well, I like the part about how the affected body part will be numb for thirty days. <laughs> Terry boot of the urinal. I, am I doing it? Is it working? <laughs> Ginny is essentially like that high maintenance relationship that maybe he doesn't want at that moment. And that's a good thing because I want to see these characters work through their problems. They're like Luke and Lorelai. You know what I mean? So that's my. What? Gilmore He's talking girls. about Gilmore Girls. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that. You know what? Though? I just had this massive revelation that Daphne Greengrass, Greengrass, see, I'm talking like Greengrass, is in Southern and her name is Green. <laughs> just a mate. Brilliant. You can't pull out the booby factor. Gen 2, <laughs> what was the point I brought up to you about Ginny's boobs earlier this evening? You said that, um, did Ginny just miraculously get a nice rack? Did she not have a nice rack the year before? <laughs> did she, like, have no breasts in Morgan Le Fay? Because all of a sudden Harry's, like, walking, and he's like, oh, my God! Boobs! And he's like astounded. <laughs> yeah, but he was looking at Susan's all year. He even that's says what, it. And that's what I told him. I said he wasn't interested in Jenny's boobs then. <laughs> it does amuse me the fact that even if he was happily married last year, if 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 they were that amazing, you think he'd have been like, oh. That's nice. And then, like, moved on. He's like, oh, my It's funny because Harry is a boob man. (laughs) (laughs) She's the same girl she's always been. You just didn't notice her much before. 
So he just didn't notice her boobs before. Well, then notice how his perspective changes. When he sees her at the bar, he's like, oh, those school robes hide a lot, huh? And now all of a sudden she's back at school. He's like, ooh, those school robes, they show off everything. I'm like, pick <laughs> one. Pick one. He's confused. Well, I think, he's just, well, I think he appreciates everything. I mean, there's just, there's two tight T-shirts. There's small shorts. There's skimpy pajamas. There's... Do you think I, all of her clothes shrunk in the dryer? Denny is wonderful and fun and has determination and spirit and breasts. He is such a perv. <laughs> I love how he keeps referring to himself as the perv through all of this. And I love his little thing. He's like, you're a perv. It's wrong. He's a younger sister. Snape and a thong. Snape and a thong. Snape and a thong. Well, chapter one opens with Ron having, you know, the visions of what's to come. And one of them is Snape wearing Neville Longbottom's, you know, grandmother's clothes. And you're like, is the flashback. That was to keep him from having a sex dream about Hermione. Don't lie to me. You know, it's it's rather unfortunate that uh, all of the Hogwarts boys have to use Snape as a way to deflate their erections. <laughs> Why do I need to pick Snape in a dress or a naughty or a thong? It's like, I think that picturing Snape would be bad enough. Well, I don't know why they have to dress him up in all these disgusting things. Because, just, because if you're no. just thinking of something unpleasant, it might take a while to deflate yourself, I guess. So if you're thinking of something unpleasant and disgusting... Guys, and I think I'm, like- I'm uniquely qualified to answer this question. <laughs> what it is, is it's kind of like taking antibiotics. You eventually develop an immunity to it. So Snape works well for the first round. But after that, Snape just doesn't do it anymore. So you move on to Snape and a thong. And you try and leave yourself something a little bit worse in case of an emergency. Or you just carry around a book. Right. <laughs> um, stop bit- talking. Stop talking now. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I love the fact that one of the recurring themes in Ron's dream diary is is naked Hermione, and I love that he writes it down. <laughs> I love that he asks her if she wants to read it, and she reads it, and she's like, "I had no idea this was in here. You could have warned me." And he's like, "Oh, I forgot." I'm like, "You forgot." No. Then she's like, do you want to do these things? <laughs> and he's like, are you kidding me? Well, we all thought that the love room would be significant, too. I love John Noe's explanation of the love room. It's like a red room with like a heart-shaped bed. <laughs> with like the <laughs> you know, saying it like that, the love room, makes it sound like it's some seedy love hotel or something. <laughs> Where Harry's, where Harry's like, you know, so how do you want me to be, defeat Voldemort? Like, ask him to be my boyfriend? Like, make me a man, Voldemort? Like, it's like, what, like, what are we talking about? <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to check to make sure Rinna was still present. Make me a man. <laughs> Ron and Hermione go off to their new head boy and head girl quarters, which are conveniently located well away from Gryffindor Tower. And Jenny's like, how many times do you think those beds were christened and Harry doesn't want to think about it? She's like, you know, your parents were in there once. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> always bugs me. Like, it always bugs me when they have, like, head boy and head boy rooms. The head boy and head boy rooms? <laughs> head sorry. Head oh, sorry, it's the Massachusetts version of Hogwarts. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
my favorite point, too, is the part where Ron is naked in the bedroom. And Harry's like, oh, man, God, I don't need to see that. Oh, gee, God, God. It's like, eyes are bleeding. And all I can picture is, in Morgan Le Fay, every other line was, and Harry and Ron went up to the Gryffindor Tower. They pulled off their clothes and put on their pajamas and got into bed. I'm like, okay, but you've never seen him naked. Well, he wasn't looking. It's not yeah, like but they're on the Quidditch team together, and they've been using the same showers for seven years. There's a difference between seeing him naked and seeing him naked. You know what I mean? It's like... And there's also a difference between the kind of naked you are when you're changing in the gym and the kind of naked you are after you've just been stopping your girlfriend. I mean, there's a difference. Can you, yeah. hold on, can, can you please spell that? <laughs> Isn't have, that like an S-C-H-T-U-P-I-N-G? Yes. Stupping? Yeah. I love that. Brilliant! That's like Dave Leatherman in Crater. Stupping. Okay, I'm going for that for the rest of the day. Oh my gosh, why have I never heard of this word? You've never heard of stupping? I've heard of slapping, but I've never heard of stupping. Well, I keep getting confused by snog and shag, because I think Huggles needs glasses over here, so I can never, like, I have to squint. I'm like, what are they doing? (laughs) It's like they were snog... It's written, (laughs) they were snogging. They were were snagging. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's like they're snogging, and then then Molly jumped in, and they flew apart, and I read shagging. I'm like, you think that will help? <laughs> like, oh, it was getting very confusing for me as a reader. Well, this is the thing about Daphne, P.S., that you don't like. She's a hoe. She's a skank. Yeah, she's a hoe, and she's, um... You've never used that word before in your life, have you, P.S.? Right, I haven't. I like the fact that Hermione has a list of clues. It's like, she's like, okay, now, how are we going to keep our information correct? I know. Let's make a list. I can just imagine she'd be the kind of person who she has a to-do list that she writes down every day. And she writes it out by hand. And every time she gets to check something off her to-do list, she, like, has a little mini orgasm. It's, like, so cathartic <laughs> for her to check it off her to-do list. And so if she ever does anything that's, that's not on I- the list... She, like, writes it on the list so she can check yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you do, you do have to write it on the list if you do something that's not on the list. Renee, you're actually discussing P.S.'s personal daily journal right here. I just didn't know you're hitting a little too close to home. The word is anal. Does anyone else get, like, a ton of random porn spam in their profile email? No. I don't get it, but Jen gets a lot of German porn. I guess, she like... She can't understand that it's porn, so she opens it on the off chance. <laughs> I don't, like, like, I, I don't open anything that's not from Ryan. Like, just looking in the first page of emails, one wife is not enough. <laughs> <laughs> one wife is not enough. I get random gibberish, like... Galvani Maple. <laughs> like, that doesn't even make sense. The people that send me this stuff have horrible names. Renegar Goldizian. Hutton Dobmeyer. That's a fun one. The guy that sent me um, One Wife Is Not Enough is named Fim Southam Hilario. <laughs> okay, so my mother puts it on Craigslist. We all remember the bedroom set incident in 2008. So I'm uh, Mm -hmm. leery of Craigslist. So she's on there, and she's like, oh, this is wonderful. Someone's interested, but he's living in the U.K., and he's not coming (laughs) to the country yet. So he wants me to get all this information for me and send it to his brother. I'm like, my, you're being spammed. No, I'm not. You don't trust me to do anything. So I walk over, and I cut and paste the entire email into Google. (laughs) I Google it, and it comes up like, 53,000 hits on, like, you know, waryofspam.org and stuff. I'm like, uh, yeah, you were about to just get spammed, so now my mother is afraid of the computer because there are bad, bad, bad men out there. I 
I want to know what Draco thinks of Mike. What? What Mike to Draco? <laughs> <laughs> what, did I, what did I say? You want to know what Draco thinks of Mike. Now, I have I have a guess. I have two guess what Draco thinks of Mike, and I'm sure half of our forum members probably have thought it at one point or another. What's that? Oh, nothing, dude, absolutely nothing. But um, <laughs> what does Mike think of Draco? Well, we've seen what he thinks of Hopkirk, and it wasn't very impressive. But let's see, what, Mike, what do you think of Draco? Well, he is my favorite character, and so I'm glad he's in this story. I think he's, honestly, I think he's a good person, but he's not heroic. Well, Mike, I'm a good person, but I'm not heroic. I mean, like, I mean, I haven't save the world today. But there's always tomorrow, P.S. There's <laughs> always tomorrow. Yeah. And loving it. I probably said it last week, but it doesn't make any sense. I mean, It makes no sense at all. Not only <laughs> is this putting unsupervised children in a place where they can have sex, as they clearly do in this story, what if there's a crisis in the middle of the night and the head boy and the head girl are miles away from where they should be because this, these rooms are not only... So are the professors. Right, they're so. very secluded because there's well, nothing. Well, the professor. Like seriously, do you realize if Neville did not go to Hogwarts, Harry would be dead in the fifth book? Because Neville is his job when something awful happens to go find help. But, and you send Neville, the kid with the toad, to find, and he comes back with McGonagall and her charming. Wherever she could be. See, that's another thing that I don't get. I mean, like. Do the teachers like tell the students where their bedrooms are? Because I, doubt I don't want I don't want no kid knocking on my bedroom door at three o'clock in the morning to say that something's happening. Like, I don't Neville. want no kid knocking on my bedroom door. <laughs> exactly what she said. Yes. Can we back the tape up, please? I don't want no kid knocking on my bedroom door. Thank you. Like I'm sorry. I'm like, sorry. I'm the, like, that was one step like above talk to the hand. I'm picturing her doing talk to the hand. I'm not, I don't want no kid coming to my door in the middle of the night. Like, Actually, I was, I was going to say, I find the whole concept of there being separate rooms for the head boy and head girl incredibly annoying, and it's every because single stick has it. Because if you pay attention to canon, yeah. you see, you see that Percy is there people. in Prisoner of Azkaban when yes. he is in fact the head boy and mm-hmm. didn't go to his he private is, room where he could be doing Penelope. Well, I'm sure there's fix out there where there's where the, where the head boy and the head girl have to sleep with each other every year because they only have the one bed. <laughs> it's one of the it's one of the many. That's how they do it. That's how they do Draco Hermione. It's the only way they can possibly. Right. Do it. I mean, here's the thing: if you're an RA in college, you get a single. So I, I, I it, oh yeah, it doesn't, it but you doesn't don't really... get you, the boy RA doesn't get to sleep with the girl RA. Technically, they're not supposed to sleep. I mean, technically speaking. Technically, they're not supposed Okay, P.S., let me ask you this question. Are people supposed to sleep together in college? No. Do they? I'm sure they do. Thank you, P.S. All right, points off. Very much so. No way! I, I see magic healers like, as the profession, as we see them in canon, as being closer to a nurse than a doctor in terms of patient interaction. I think that's because right, um, we see Madame Pomfrey, and she is a nurse. She's a school nurse. Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking too, with, um, unless I'm confusing with Fix, but I'm thinking of with Mr. Weasley and those people bustling around. Like, you know, see that enough to comment, I don't think. Can I just ask a question? Mike has just sent me the following message. Was Double Door <laughs> a healer magic touching dude? <laughs> he was a teacher. Well, well Dumbledore was a teacher. Wait, Mike. I don't, I don't know. Dumbledore also, could have been anything. Was Dumbledore a healer magic touching dude also? Is there someone else who was a healer magic touching dude? Jimmy. Jimmy is a healer magic <laughs> yeah. touching dude. Okay. Yeah. 
Oh, that's okay. Well, I, you know what? I, I was trying to clear. distinguish between the healers and healers. Healers with the capital like, H and healers with the lower the oh, the magic this is like healing small touching. Democrat. I hate it when they do that. The magic healing them. touching dudes have to be girls, so I don't think the. No, they said that it's almost always girls, but not always. He said almost always. This is what the line said in, in the book. And then I'm okay. thinking because Dumbledore is giving her his pensive, so I was thinking, oh, maybe he went through the same thing. Except he well, says he cleaned it out when he gives it to her. Well, he cleaned it out, but why, why is it, if it's useful for the healer dudes, I'm thinking, like, he cleaned it out, but the reason he's giving it to her is because he knows what she's going through. Well, he was he, also he was dying and giving away his shit. I mean, there's <laughs> that's And welcome back to Potterfic Weekly, everyone. This is not Ryan. This is not Lady Chi. This is not Keza. This is not P.S. And this is not Jen. <laughs> you may have noticed that all the voices you're hearing are not the ones you might expect. That's because they tried to do this twice already, and, well, somewhere or other, the wheels fell off the bus. I was in on that first attempt, and we were too Pufuanian for our own good, which is saying something, considering the amount of Pufuanian that goes on in this place. My weird thing about reading any kind of fic, I love it when any of the characters vomit. This makes them so human. (laughs) I really think that Ron does not want to be a seer. I think he doesn't really want the responsibility, you know? Ron doesn't want to be the guy. Ron, I think, is quite happy to let Harry be the guy. Ron wants to be the guy the guy counts on. If I make that as a direct quote from West Wing, I just can't remember which episode. You know what the difference is between you and me? I want to be the guy. You want to be the guy the guy counts on. Like, you know what I mean? Ron doesn't want the, he doesn't want the responsibility. Are you sure you're not Ryan trying to bring other fandoms in here? <laughs> I'm quite sure I'm not, Ryan. Listen, you will never hear me talk about Star Trek or Battlestar or anything. I just, it was, it was a West Wing and it was just so appropriate. And what's more, I didn't have to give you like an hour and a half of backstory for you to get the reference. You think about the three unforgivables, a.k.a. obviously, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There really isn't much getting around that. But yeah. I also think it's interesting interesting that it has so many syllables. You know, if you really want to kill somebody, it's die. <laughs> you know, boom, you're dead. I can't call in sick again. <laughs> I'm, 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 no, no, we'll have Mike call in for you. Hi, this is Trisha's dad. Hello, is this Mr. Skinner? I understand uh, Tricia works for you, is that correct? Excellent, excellent. You see, I'm her father. And uh, Trisha has come down with a bit of a bug, the flu, you understand, yes? And she won't be making it into work today. And she asked me just to inform you of this fact. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much. You've been so helpful. I'll, I'll tell her that. I'll tell her that. And uh, hopefully she'll be in tomorrow, and uh, we're all hoping her fever goes down. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> And everybody keeps walking in on everybody else and being embarrassed and walking back out again. That happens three or four times through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean like um, Ron walking in on Harry and Ginny? Mm-hmm. Harry walks yeah. in on Neville and Luna at some point. Or right. Yeah. I missed that. You know, I noticed this. I've been reading this story and I'm thinking to myself, man, these seventh years are like all over each other. Oh, my God. Everybody's in everybody else's bed. <laughs> Seamus and Lavender. Seamus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the in the uh, showers. And we have... <laughs> yeah, no, I was a little shocked about that one. <laughs> that they one. immediately avoid that shower for all time. <laughs> it's not clean. <laughs> Which yes. I think is extremely funny considering what probably goes on in those showers. But hey, you know. Yeah, it's a boy shower, man. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go, you better scourge apply that sucker before I step in there. 
And I'm still wearing flip-flops. <laughs> So we're up to Julia's favorite part. So of course, Ryan towel. Ryan towel. Yes. <laughs> nice, but not as good as Charlie. <laughs> There's this good Wizard Rock song called "The Year That Hormones Hit Hogwarts." <laughs> I kind of, this would be it. I feel like yeah, like this is the thing is that song personified. Sixty-nine dudes. Fred and George send him edible underwear, and he is rather freaked out. <laughs> yeah, but God, did you guys see Ryan's note about that? Harry and Ron are both cross-dressers. Because the edible underwear are called knickers. In this point, I don't think it actually applies to that because it's probably you're supposed to give them to your girlfriend. Yes. Right. I suspect. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're yeah. supposed to give them to your girlfriend and she's supposed to wear them and you're supposed to eat them off her. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the idea. This is my understanding of the process. <laughs> Understanding is correct. Not that I ever have had a pair or want a pair of them, but yes, that's what they are. For. Thank God, guys. Yeah. I have to just. I have to just. We have to go off topic for a second, but I have to tell you all this. A couple of years ago, we were curious as to whether or not edible underwear would be permitted for use on Shabbos. You're not allowed. There's certain rules where, like, you're not allowed to rip or tear things, but there's right. also like an exception to a lot of these things when it comes to food. So we were wondering like if edible, bread. right? Like ripping bread or smearing cream cheese, that sort of thing. We were wondering, like, if edible underwear f- fell under the food exemption or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, we had... I, I def- This must have been, like, probably the most awkward conversation of my life. I went up to Rabbi Hassan and I was like, so, Rabbi, edible underwear on Shabbos, permissible? And he goes, what's edible underwear? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> and then we had to... We explained it to him. And... <laughs> He goes, the rule, his official answer came down to if the woman was wearing the underwear for the purpose that it would be eaten off immediately, then it would probably constitute food and would therefore fall under the food exception. But if she was like wearing the underwear around all day, like as underwear, then it would probably not fall under the food exception and therefore would not be permissible on Shabbos. Wouldn't want to wear it all day anyhow. Wouldn't wear it all day. It's like no no. Like fruit roll-ups. <laughs> I know. So, Ron receives edible underwear that he's supposed to give to Hermione. Oh, good. I came back on the best part. I am completely on Melinda Leo's boat now. We do not like Susan at all. She is just not good enough for Harry. So, I have flip-flopped, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. I have to mention this because I am a nitpicker, and I have a nit to pick. Fred and Forge, they only do it once. Stop using it, fandom. (laughs) (laughs) So he locates the twins, and luckily it happens off screen because we can see Harry and Ginny in bed together because, quite frankly, there is not enough sex in the story. They're knickers. you got to put that in there. They were in their knickers, and Harry did not want her to take her bra off. Well, actually, that's a big fat lie. He wanted he did not want her to put it back on. And I love that Harry is literally a six-year-old in this. He's like, I want to touch them. <laughs> Ron wakes up and he's very groggy. In my notes say, oh, Ron's on Wizarding Vicodin. Oh, Vicodin. I wonder like, if there's anything in the Wizarding world that makes you be crazy like that. Well, I mean, Ron is always complaining that the dreamless sleep potion makes him feel groggy. I was just supposed to say, read anything by Melinda Leo. I mean, Harry's like that once a fic. Dean wakes up, he gets a bite to eat, he showers, he goes to class, he comes home, Dean is having a very normal life. 
He gets ready for bed. He brushes up. He washes his face, combs his hair, gets ready for bed. Now he goes into the bedroom. In the bed immediately next to him are Lavender and Seamus, and they're spooning. And they're both wearing female undergarments. Now we go to the next bed over, and Neville and Luna are there, and they are also spooning. They are wearing pink pajamas. Then in the next bed, you have the rotting corpse of Albus Dumbledore, because that's where Ron used to sleep, because they didn't give him a funeral. They just shoved his body in there. So then you go to the next bed over, Aries four poster. The shades are drawn shut, so you can't see in, and there's a silencio charm. And aside from the fact that you can see the silhouette of Harry and Ginny, having sex on the inside. You would never know anything's going on in there. Dean is the only single guy in the room. He's Mike. He's Mike, his freshman year in college, where the roommates were having sex in the next bed every night, and he's just laying there trying to read a National Geographic and put it out of his mind. Harry and Jimmy were half naked and doing all these things. I'm like, what the devil sleeps three feet from you? There's no way this this little charm keeps out all that noise. I'm sorry, it's just not happening. Why didn't he just get Fox to give another feather? I mean, he owns him now. That could probably happen. And Who would you your own wand, I mean, to make wool. I mean, is that a problem? <laughs> I don't know. Can help me out here, owner of Amble. Wait, wait, hey, do they grow back? Like, is is Fox gonna be bald every time Harry needs a new wand? <laughs> well, I would imagine I that Fox has more than one tail feather. I think they He's do grow the back. Right. If they He's don't, they might right. have new ones after he burns or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Ryan, you had to that. I forgot it was a phoenix. I thought it was just a phoenix. <laughs> 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 was a parrot? Like, he was like a sheep. All right, Fox, you get another feather. Lay an egg while you're at it. Really fast. <laughs> Like, Ryan, did you just make Fox an preg? Oh, God. What did I do? You said Fox should lay an egg, but it's a boy. Lay an egg That's when you're at it. I did say that. Let's well, my explain that to me. Lay play. an egg or something. Papa's got to eat. You cannot use Fox for your own personal needs. The Death Eaters, they have an evil hula hoop. They have evil cartwheels. They have. They probably have an evil slinky. They have evil puppies. Evil everything. It's a sharpened slinky. It's got um, razor points on the ends. (laughs) Draco's like, I want to be a nemesis. He's in Nemesis training school. Now, I, I will say that I have been more than a little disturbed on, on different occasions of, of the uh, interjections of the, the birth scene. Because, I mean, I understand what the point was when they brought it in and it's supposed to be an inspiration. But it's just like, it kind of pulls me out of the battle mode. Oh, oh yeah. Because it's just like, yeah, battle, battle, ah, ah, Clash of the Titans. You know, the marches are playing and it's blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, I'm having a Oh, yeah, and Harry thinks there's a moronic burglar in his apartment. Yeah, yeah. that was really funny. He was like, no, just Jitty. The closet? They're hiding in the closet? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, my God, how cliche can you get? Yeah, she's something of a minx in this chapter. And he even calls her that. That's right. She's elusive. It's part of the draw. Oh, yeah. And also, a little bit later, Ron and Hermione totally do it in the pantry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Yes! Oh, Oh! Oh, yes! Yes! <laughs> Ken the singing Bob the Builder. Lofty and Rolly too. Lofty and Wendy join the crew. Bob and the gang have so much fun. Working together we get the job done. Bob the Builder, can we fix it? 
Bob the Builder. Yes, we did <laughs> an Australian accent, which makes it, you know, just that much better. <laughs> what kind of accent do you expect her to sing in? The fact that the song was in that accent in general adds to the hilarity value tenfold. We need a Keza last weekend at the um, karaoke bar because we needed people who would shamelessly sing anything. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light? Old MacDonald had a farm, E-I-E-I-O, and on that farm he had a kangaroo, E-I-E-I-O. Toot-toot, chugga-chugga, big red car, London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down. Yankee Doodle went to town, riding on a pony, stuck a feather in his ankle. I can't even sing it, macaroni. Rubber ducky, you're the one. Magic, nothing can, can stand, stand in, in our way. way. To what? believe we, we are magic. La 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 la. Xanadu, Xanadu. Waltzing Matilda, waltzing Matilda, you come waltzing Matilda with me. And he sang as he watched and waited till his billy bowed. You come waltzing Matilda with me. Peanut sat on the railway track, his heart was all a flutter. Train came rolling down the track, toot toot peanut butter. Hey, I was at choir last night and I sounded just like very beautiful like an angel. I'll have you know. I always say inane stuff, that's my specialty. My name is Keza. What sort of stupid intro is that? I would get mocked for that from here to eternity. I think it was Nigeria where there's a strong belief in witchcraft. And there is currently a goat being held trial on charges of armed robbery. <laughs> <laughs> Under the assumption that he transformed himself into an animal before committing the crime. So he is currently being held in custody into the waiting charges. I am not entirely <laughs> sure if he has been read his Miranda rights and if he has. No, so you're yes. working under the assumption that that goat isn't actually a person who's transformed into a goat. I can't make that assumption. It's entirely possible that that could be a person. How do you plead? Uh, <laughs> I think it was the Bernard. He got, you know, he was reincarnated and then came back to haunt the Nigerian legal if system. If you were Bernard and you were a goat and you got sizzled by lightning, <laughs> would you really reincarnate yourself as another goat? to protect the goat from the other inmates. <laughs> like a chicken and a cow. How do you handcuff a goat? They don't have hands. Just <laughs> shackle it. Are you like freshly made handcuffs to fit the goat? Is he just like slid food under a door or something? I don't know. Do they have like an actual like cell? <laughs> Let's make him 
me think of all those fics where, where Harry is kidnapped by Death Eaters and they chain him to the wall and they put a Dementor in with him and they just shove crusts of bread under the door. And I'm imagining this poor goat being tortured the way that... <laughs> in the goat Harry. experiences in jail. And he's probably going to write, you know, like, write a memoir after this about his experience in the Nigerian legal system. Like, Wait a second, is this goat's name Nelson? Is he Nelson. a political prisoner? I don't... <laughs> If they believe in witchcraft and they believe that people can transform themselves into animals, could they have, like, cat on the ballot if they have an elected government? Typically, aren't you supposed to be tried by a jury of your peers? Wouldn't they need other farm animals in the jury in order to make this a fair trial? And they get a whole bunch of goats, too, you know, the jury of goats, and they present the evidence. Have of- the lawyers go through and they could, like, show the goats have no prior connections to this <laughs> It's like, what is your relationship to, you know, to the defendant? They can't find a suit. Because there's jury. only one stud goat in the whole village, so <laughs> the father, they're all related. Yeah, and, and all the female goats, like, slept with the goat at some point. And <laughs> they're not going to, you know, roll over on him. Sorry, that didn't, that meant to sound metaphorical. <laughs> I recently went to visit my sister. This has got nothing to do with goats. I think we're just going into dangerous <laughs> And <laughs> we should move away from the goat talk. There's this little white thing under her, like, TV cabinet thing in the back room. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, what is that? And she's like, oh, that's the Wii Fit. And I just started laughing. <laughs> All she told me was it was the Wii Fit. And it made me laugh. And she knew why I was laughing. She hasn't heard the Naked Wii Fit podcast, but she oh. knew that I was laughing <laughs> because it was... I haven't either. I'll have to... <laughs> Although now with that kind of teeth. <laughs> I got Twilight for Christmas, so I've been reading Twilight. Oh, and good Lord. <laughs> what? I think you've gone over to the bad place. I was just thinking how it was the same. Do you want us to come Alex. back later, Kesa? Yeah. No, 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 like no, gonna... no. Excuse me. There is a character in Twilight. That's all I'm going to say. You need to be patient. This is my very favourite line of um, Chapter 2. Um, <laughs> are you thinking what I'm thinking, Ron asked Harry. Yes, Harry said. They both turned to stare at the wand Dumbledore held. He might just use the elder wand on us, Ron said. Oh, honestly, Snape said scathingly. We would never ever say Snape scathed. We would say Snape said scathingly. <laughs> it just made me laugh. <laughs> Snape is grammatically correct. Snape said scathingly. Just made me laugh. Don't lie. So Harry and Dumbledore have gone to do something in Chapter 5. And Harry has breasts, which I found fascinating. <laughs> Move past the fake boobs. <laughs> they're not fake. They're very real boobs. They're polyjuice boobs. <laughs> and Harry used magic to tie Ron up. Uh, you, you haven't read any, any fanfics in which that happened before? I generally don't read Slash. Don't lie. You could use basilisk venom to destroy... That was one of the, like, three things you could use to destroy a horcrux, and it didn't matter where the basilisk venom came from. So theoretically, could they, could they, could they just have, like, created basilisks and then, like... Like, if you can make one by, isn't it, like, hatching a chicken egg under a fire or something? Or it was. I'm not absolutely like familiar with the, pro- the process of making a basilisk, but... I think, Cody, so if you could do that, then there would be a lot more basilisks running around, because all you have to do is run out to Shaw's and get a dozen eggs and stick them in the fire. But, but don't 
roosters and stuff, wouldn't it make it kind of hard to get it out of the chick? Like, they're like moth enemies. I don't remember what the process was, but it was something along those lines. Cody, it's a chicken's egg hatched beneath a toad. Just get Trevor and an egg hagrid and it's all good. Get, you know, because Trevor is not hard to pin down. Well, I would think a basilisk is a protected species, so Harry definitely would have gotten in trouble for slaying one. I mean, come on. Yeah, like, I, I would love, like, the end of Deathly Hallows is, like, they defeat Voldemort and, like, PETA comes and, like, takes Harry in for a lawsuit because he killed the basilisk. It's like, okay, you rode a dragon illegally, you killed a basilisk. <laughs> You've got explaining to do, Potter. I'm sorry, but killing a basilisk is a 5,000 galleon fine and a five-year prison sentence. You're going to have to go to Azkaban. <laughs> All right, moving right along. Albus Dumbledore feels impotent. <laughs> and the well, reason I a, say that is he's because a very Ryan, old man. <laughs> Ryan wanted me, this made Ryan laugh, and he wanted me to bring up the impotent life. He's in the room with Ginny's parents, and they're discussing how evil and dark Harry must be. And Albus knows the truth. And he feels impotent like he hasn't since he was 18. And I'm thinking, why would an yeah. 18 have felt impotent? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I said to Ella, I'm like, what's going on here? She's like, oh, you know, the Grindelwald thing. And I'm like, she's not thinking the same thing I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a bit strange because her current her current life journal icon is a dancing banana with the word penis. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear that um, Dumbledore learned Petrificus Totalis at age 18. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see what the question is here. I mean, we've been over this before on the podcast. That must be such an inconvenience to have to rely on Petrificus Totalis for most You have to renew it at some point or go to someone? <laughs> you know, like Viagra hey, it's Totalis. It's It's permanent. <laughs> Well, if it was permanent, that'd be kind of awkward. There's a reason why wizarding men wear robes. <laughs> I'm thinking very bagelish, but I'm remembering how Hermione cast a petrificus to tell us on poor little 11-year-old Neville, and I'm wondering if it worked. Maybe it had some side effects. I mean, you know, it's Neville. I mean... I've always wondered why Neville was so shy. <laughs> Maybe that's why shy little Neville was able to get Ginny to go to the ball with him. It could be. But dancing would be really awkward. <laughs> Jill's just going to kill us. <laughs> what made me cry is I'll always remember Ginny. Um, well, specifically... And don't you just love how P.S. loves it and it's not making her vomit? Isn't that fantastic? Um, she really does love them. <laughs> I specifically can't believe that Harry gets his memory wiped and he can't remember how to kill the basilisk. And Ron's like, oh yeah, um, you go. You go right now and go kill that basilisk. <laughs> and Harry's like, I have to go by myself? And if you did like, it the first time. Damn right, you have to go by yourself. I think they could have killed Lockhart because Neville wasn't there. Then Ron could have gone with him. But he couldn't take Neville with him and then go, yeah. all right, Harry, here's how you kill a basilisk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I just know this because I read the Idiot's Guide to Defeating the Dark Lord, in which it describes how to defeat. Chapter three: Killing Basilisk. Ginny, who is dying, is like telling him what to do. He's like, "That's Gryffindor sword, Harry. <laughs> Play the monster for me." I feel that we should, at this point, explain to any new listeners to the Potterfic Weekly podcast what a bagel is. 
Well, it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's see, a it's small not, round not really. piece of dough that's boiled and um, cooked. <laughs> it's, it's the common in New York, it's a Jewish food, as I recall. <laughs> Julia can explain it, I think. Yeah, oh. we'll get Julia on later. Oh, the bagel thing came from the nightmares of futures past. And yes. Specifically, Harry going because back in time and lusting 30 after. 30-year-old Harry is lusting after 12-year-old Ginny. Yeah, but, but this see, time it's this kind of not as awkward. Both bagels it, in a way. It's for Ron. <laughs> oh yeah, it's Ron the bagel. <laughs> yeah, I think Ron's a bagel. In case anyone <laughs> has not surmised yet, bagel is a term used for when someone who is considerably older abuses a position of trust with a younger person. Would that be a good description? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yes, it would. And not if someone's like repeating the word pedophilia repeatedly. We use well, but bagel. It's a very nice replacement. Ron is the bagel. Harry and Ginny are not bageling. And I like Dumbledore's (laughs) point later when things fall apart and Dumbledore eventually tracks down Harry and he's like, "Couldn't you have waited till you got back to school to do this?" And you're just, um, doesn't seem quite right. Yes, not normally the headmaster would have been saying, but you, hey, I guess he's okay, real. All the sex you want when you get back to school. I <laughs> <laughs> need it at home. And welcome back to Parfic Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm P.S. Mike. Cody. Melinda. Why are you all talking like Mike? <laughs> what the hell happened? Okay, we're doing this again. Welcome back to Parfic Weekly. This is Ryan. I am P.S. Mike. I am Cody. I am Melinda. You know what? We've done that. I feel wrong not saluting you. We've talked about it before, though. You can say I am Mike while you're saluting me. (laughs) This is Michael reporting for duty. Okay, good. Because what I think we really need as a nation is to have Mike serve in the armed forces. I know the author's name is Ella. Okay, what is a dead dead woodpecker? When we first were choosing it on the podcast, it was listed as... Yeah, on the poll it says something else. She changed her name. On the poll it said Alien of Tortel. She's Ella on side. We're sure she actually wrote it, though, right? This is one of those things where, like, Melinda writes a story and some of them is good. They changed the name. We're J.K. Rowling. Maybe Melinda wrote it. No, I'm not as creative. All right, we're going to have someone... the podcast hopefully for an interview in a few weeks god knows if they wrote it but we're working on it when i first did it i just quickly did you know what my email was and then after i was like oh i wish i was more creative coming up with this but because i'd already started writing i was like well i can't change my name now but obviously i could have melinda what would would your name be i'm hungarian so i'm not hungarian hornshell but i'd I'd figure out how to work hungarian in there somewhere (laughs) could you imagine if it was the seventh floor crux by the hungarian Oh, I, like I have one creative internet name in me for life. On the cover of the British edition of the first book, it looks like Harry's about to get run down by the train. That's so sad. <laughs> like he's standing on the tracks, and he has this expression on his face. It's like, oh, no. Melinda, you don't want to join Facebook. How's that going? That's okay. Cool. I've been on there. I've been posted a few days ago. Well, how's that going? Because you, you hated the idea of Facebook. Didn't want anything to do. Got a friend request from my cousin, who I've been looking everywhere for. I finally hooked back up with her through Facebook of all things, which is a pretty See, good thing. Ryan of Pyrific Weekly, bringing people together. Harry says, I'm going back in time to change things. And Dumbledore's portrait is like, no, you must not. Things are fine. Look at me. It's regrowing from the ashes. Water it. 
And Harry's like, no, you bastard. I won't go anyway, whether you help me or not. And Dumbledore's like, I can't do anything to stop you. I'm furniture. So he goes back in time, and the story begins. In this story, Flitwick is alive, and he's short, and he has books, and Seamus has a good arm left. And the other one's, unfortunately, missing. But the other, he's, he can walk. Ginny's alive. Ginny's alive, and Hagrid's alive, and they still have the house, and Creature is Alice Brady with an apron on, and Ron is a little angry, but he can get over that. And they go out to Hogsmeade, and there's people skipping. There's skipping going on, people. Like, it's it's bad for, th- it's bad for them, but for everyone else, you know, I know 60% of the people died or whatever, 40% of the people died, but there, there are people left. It's not like Battlestar Galactica. There's actually, you can reproduce oh, without it being yeah. icky. Your DNA is compatible with ours, meaning we can breed with them. You got a one-track mind, Doc. They go to Hogwarts, and Hagrid's there. Hagrid lived. He always dies. Belinda never kills him, but everyone else does. So they go to Hogwarts, and they and they meet one-armed Seamus, and they go up to Flitwick's office, and apparently Warwick Davis was only available for a few seconds of shooting because he left them and they ran. So they go to talk to Dumbledore's portrait, and he's like, I want to go back in time. Dumbledore's portrait's like, I am so proud of you. Come here. And he, and he thinks it's a wonderful <laughs> idea. I'm like, no! You told them it's a bad idea. It's time for continue. No! Look, have you never watched Star Trek? I believe I'm in love with Edith Keeler. Jim, Edith Keeler must die. If you do a search on these chapters for the word frown, in every scene that Harry is doing anything that can be misconstrued, Molly is standing at the door frowning at him. And she, like, overhears, like, like he's touching himself in the shower. He turns around, Molly's frowning at the door. Like, he's frowning no, during that the That would be awkward. I know you who will they are. find out. I know you who know who they are? It's mm-hmm. my theory. I've got a theory. And I think it's the person from the author story who kidnapped Merlin. I think it's Nimwi is her name. I think both of them, because I, I think Luna's dead on with the whole thing, and it's foreshadowing from Luna. Oh, you which mean is, like you think Merlin is literally Merlin? Like literal, the literal Merlin, and then chasing after Merlin is the, is the witch who captures him. In the So it really is the whole Arthur legend, you know, it's like the who real Merlin. All right, yeah. I just have a question for Mike. Mike, who wrote the article? Um, depending whether it's good or bad, either Merlin or Nimue. I have an image of Merlin as a freelance writer for the Daily Prophet. Luna <laughs> <laughs> well, says he's under disguise. Not Merlin speaking editorial. I bought Battlestar Galactica. Did you buy season one? Yeah. You want to come over Friday and watch it with me? Because Tina has mine. I'd love you live to have a mile from my house. Come over on my chips. I'd love Remus Lucan. Lucans. His name is Remus Lucan. I love Remus Lupins. Cracker Jack investigative reporting <laughs> skills. I think it's great. They're in the pensive, and it's serious and seeing his grave, and they're seeing everything, and Remus comes over. Shoes. Oh, my God! How did he know I bought those shoes? It must be real. I'm like, All I could think was horrible. Like, oh, my God, Remus, he was gay for some reason. I don't know why I thought that. I guess it was just like his focus on the shoes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're in. I, the, I expected they're in, to get one of those. Is that what my hair looks like from the back? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's Remus's future office five years from now. He's like, my office is fabulous. <laughs> like, literally, I have all these notes for Chapter 16, and they culminate with Remus's shoes. Or maybe Sirius saw something where he believes the rumors about Harry and Ron having sex. He would have had a similar reaction to the Weasleys, only it would have Harry been Harry and Ron us. having sex? Uh, Wait a minute. That's I'm talking with the rumors story. at the end. No, the, that, that was, was, that was, that was the Umbridge rumor. Yeah. Umbridge you know, can I tell you, I totally missed the rumor. The, like, I totally was, I was like in Mike land early season two, <laughs> and I really thought that Umbridge was implying the fact that Harry Potter is this evil bastard, and Ron lets himself be tied up and left defenseless around this man who could shoot him at any time. I'm like, well, that's, everyone seems to be getting very upset. And they came back to Dumbledore's office. He's like, she implied that they were sleeping together. I'm like, oh, that. All I could picture was Sirius wearing Molly Weasley's dress, walking in on Ron and Harry touching each other's nipples, <laughs> like throwing Ron to the curb. That's okay. That. Earlier, uh, all I could think of was uh, Melinda Leo writing about when you were saying in the other podcast about how she writes all the time about uh, Harry's pants getting tight. I was picturing Molly Weasley frowning at Harry every time she writes that scene. <laughs> she was frowning continually throughout the story. We have the Resurrection Stone, which lives inside of a snitch, which when Harry licks it, the stone comes out and it lets him see his mom and dad as he walks. <laughs> when he licks it or ki- did he lick it or cut it? He kissed well, it's not like a golf ball. I mean, it's sanitary. This story goes to AU sometime during the Deathly Hallows book. Like, that is where the story diverges from canon. And okay. somehow in that divergence, Harry didn't get that he came back because he was a Horcrux. Harry misread the canon, is what you're telling me. Yes, Harry misread Deathly Hallows. He's me. Okay, so Harry went AU is what yeah. you're telling me. And Harry misread the canon. Okay. Well, you know what? The, the problem I had with the canon was that Voldemort died in the middle of a paragraph, and you would think that would be worthy of its own line. So I missed it. What happened? I read up, I'm like, oh, he's dead. Look at that. Hermione tells him, do you remember how you caught the snitch? It was in your mouth, and he tries it, and he puts it in his mouth, and nothing happens. Let's just say I'm about to die. No, yes, Cody's right. Yes. He has to say I am about to die. Because it opened at the close of his life. Okay, so that, that was my question, is that he has to, there was a password that he has to whisper to it before it opens. Glad he guessed the password. <laughs> It's I'm not those words, Ryan. It's him acknowledging that. I know, P.S. I was trying to be funny. God. It didn't work. You have one hour. <laughs> Can I just tell you, Danielle doesn't listen to the podcast, but she walks around saying, you have one hour, and then I will give you another hour. And I'm like, you realize I made up that line. That wasn't actually in the canon. She's like, yes, it was. I'm like, no, I actually made up that line. I was really surprised because I, I've told you all before it. I don't usually care for AUs, but I don't com- completely consider this one AU anyway because it, it takes it uses canon. It just goes in another direction and looks at how things could, if they're just slightly altered, another way things could have happened. I really ended up enjoying the story very much. So it's not AU. It's just canon shown through an alternative. Melinda is trying to hedge her bets here. Yeah, no, it's, like, it's, it's, it's still canon-based. I mean, it, the whole canon happened. Except that the ending was different, obviously, with more people dying. But <laughs> but then it goes back and redoes it all. That's that what AU is called. called. It is like the person who it's says, still- we don't torture, we just use enhanced interrogation <laughs> techniques. All the regular stuff still did happen. Then they just went back and did it all You're again. You're in denial. You in a like different universe. <laughs> It's an alternate universe. Melinda Leo just said me ate the cake. Come on. It's not exactly AU. I wouldn't put it that way, no. <laughs> well, 
right, I, I too liked the part in canon where Harry Potter was deemed <laughs> sort of a life prison in Azkaban. The part where the Weasleys throw Harry out of the burrow canon, I cry every time I read that. It's much better than the one I read with Harry discovering the power of love. That would be canon. Can I tell you, in the one with the power of love, fun fact, Voldemort was actually an alien that inhabited the body of Tom Riddle. When was Voldemort like, was expunged... Was it like Venom from Spider-Man? Like the, um... Tom Riddle wasn't actually that bad. Here I thought you were actually referencing canon, since Power of Love kind of played their role in canon. No, I'm talking like if you Care Bear stare someone, you can get hit with the Avala Cadaver curse and absorb it. And Harry discovers it in Chapter 3. It's a 90 chapter story. It's just like the time. whole, like, when Order of the Phoenix came out, everyone was talking about the love room and was like, what's the love room? And people were like, is it the Care Bear like stare? Like, <laughs> I can just imagine, like, like all the Harry and... Ginny and Ron and Hermione, like, lining up to fight Voldemort in the final battle, and they do a Care Bear stare. <laughs> well, it's like, too, when you get to uh, Final Reckoning, Harry and Voldemort fight in the um, in the love room, and you look at it, and you're like, it's filled with blood. <laughs> I, like, always expect when they went in there to be, like, what? just, like, Wow, wow, like, 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 like a heart-shaped bed in, like, one of these, like, a room in one of those sleazy love hotels. Because Harry makes a joke that, thank God, Voldemort doesn't have sex or else Harry would feel it through the scar and that would just skeeve him out. And Ron's like, you know what, I think I just realized, I think Voldemort is a virgin and that's why he's so pissed off all the time. <laughs> Ryan, do you think right, so, Adelstar yeah. Galactica would have turned out differently if Voldemort and the Death Eaters were in charge of the ship? But they still they, had, they still controlled the humans, like various who knew how to, ro- to like drive the ship so they're not going like, to crash into a star. But Voldemort and the Death Eaters are in charge of the whole show. What have you been... I think he would... What? I think they would have been helpful in last week's episode. I think we could have used them definitely. Oh, who was on Battlestar Galactica now? You have one hour. Somebody is, like, dragging a body across the microphone. <laughs> yeah, but what does that have to do with testicles? Ladies and okay. gentlemen, Jen is back. Yes. <laughs> Horace, the big H. It does not make an appearance in the story. Doesn't. I know. It drives me yeah. crazy. Like, I was waiting for him to appear, and I was waiting for him to appear, and I was like, surely, surely he'll appear in such... Surely, because he hasn't shown up yet. It must be some awesome... He must Merlin. Have some awesome Merlin. In the he must be Merlin. And then he's not in the thing at all. I have to, I've got to, like, ask Ella what he was doing in the story. Like, what were you thinking? <laughs> How dare you be about Horace Slughorn? I figure, <laughs> I figure that Harry and Ron and Ginny just wanted him had to have a happy retirement, so they left him alone. Oh. That, that had to be it. They were only doing it for that, his that benefit. It. Yeah, that, that's yeah. for sure. He didn't believe he was enjoying his retirement too much when we met him in book six. No, he wasn't enjoying his retirement. He was living in fear. That's what I'm like, saying. Was he, like, under furniture? I, I was I was worried about him because if they don't ever go get him, he's still living in fear. Like I was really worried about him. Oh no, he probably still under the furniture. Something is going to him. They'll just have to make a third one, and it'll have to be them going back into their bodies again to save Boris <laughs> <laughs> from himself. Oh well, as oh. long as he's hiding under the furniture with Leonide, I figure he's okay. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they'll give him a cruise or something. Horace Leonide, my OTP. Very true. It's very sad. It's very true. Gee, my okay. face is like red right now. Every once in a while you say stuff that makes me want to give you a hug, yes. And then I go to reach for my pillow. Oh. Ah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've got to go heat up a bottle. I'll be right back. I don't think we 
I forgot Jen was here. Thank you, Chief. Oh, my gosh, y'all. Okay, I have to tell you about this microbiology class I'm taking, okay? Okay. This will be my little interlude, and and from now on, we'll do our Aaron's Wacky Microbiology Professor moment, because (laughs) my professor is this crazy Pakistani guy, and the first lab, I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever taken a microbiology class before, but the very first thing you always do in micro is you culture yourself, like your hand or your hair or the inside of your nose or whatever, and you culture it and you grow it out on a dish so that everybody can be like, oh my God, I'm disgusting. But, um, <laughs> so we were getting ready to do it and, you know, he's demonstrating how to streak the plate and all that kind of stuff. And he says, he comes afterwards and he says, now, once you touch the plate, do not touch your face again because you will be putting the bacteria food on your face and you will wake up tomorrow and you will look at it and you will say, what shit is this? <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> I just got fell off my chair. What shit is this? And so, and then, that okay, so that was the first class. That was the first class. In my class last night, we were talking about acid bath staining and gram staining and stuff like that. And they were talking about, you know, well, why do you need to find out if it's a gram positive or gram negative and different classifications of antibiotics is what we were ended up talking about. And he was saying that the reason that E. coli... Sorry, there is no sound effect for E. coli. ...bacteria in hospitals was resistant to Levaquin was because there weren't enough large men being nurses to hose off the big fat women in hospitals who peed on themselves. <laughs> wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. What? Okay, say that part again. The, re- I, the reason that... There's a strain of E. coli in hospitals, kind of like okay. um, MRSA first came out of hospitals. Yes, uh, yes. They called it half hospital staff. Well, there's a strain of E. coli that is resistant to antibiotics in hospitals. And he said that the reason that it happened was because there weren't enough big men as nurses to help pick up these older, like, big, fat women who I mean, are we talking about, like, the people that have to be, like, craned out of their homes, people? No, he's just talking about women who pee on themselves, apparently, <laughs> when they're in the hospital. Being treated for E. coli right now. Why don't they do use the catheter? <laughs> no, that's just awful. I know. And so we're all just staring at him, like... Are you kidding? And so he says this, and then he starts laughing, and he says, Now, my job is it's not just to educate you. It is to entertain you as well, because microbiology is boring as fuck. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No. And he said, when I was in graduate school, I, I, was, I fell asleep so many times, they almost kicked me out of the program. And I talked to my lecturer, and he says, We're going to kick you out of the program. And I say, Well, if you were such a boring ass, I would not fall asleep. Oh my gosh. See, this is, I'm going to tell my husband this because he's a lab tech and he specializes in microbiology and something else. Yeah. And so yeah. he will find this extremely hilarious. What are you going back to school for? I thought you were already a nurse. No, I am. I'm in uh, respiratory therapy school, oh, okay. but well, I have to awesome. do this as a co-requisite class. I'd never, oh, okay. well, I never, well, I started to take it last year in the spring semester, but with the tornadoes and the ice storm and the flooding and then falling and breaking my tailbone and blah, 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 <laughs> I ended up dropping the class about halfway through. So I have to take it this semester as a co-requisite class. And he's also he's also managed to talk about syphilis in every single one of our classes. Oh, my gosh. Well, syphilis is awesome. I love House, the show, yeah. and all the cool stuff's always syphilis. There's so many things when you, when you talk about the magical world that you think, man, that would be so awesome. But then you read a scene like this, and you're just like, holy crap, I think I would die if somebody apparated into my bedroom and I was masturbating. Because, let's face it, sex is funny. You know, yeah. it's mortifying when you're in the moment, but it's pretty damn funny. 
funny. And I just, it is I kind thought, of like objectively ridiculous. I so. loved it. I loved, and I love that Jenny was just like, oh, you know, I do it too. It's okay. Whoa! I like that she doesn't get like all of it. Like, you know, have you ever read a fic where like some girl walks in on her true love masturbating and she's all, I can't believe you would do that when I could do that for you. Like, what girl actually has that reaction? I'm usually like, okay, how about it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Go ahead. You're going to save me 20 minutes. <laughs> I've got better things to do. I'll be back then. Oh, I just did my nails. Can you just take care of yourself? Thanks. I used to have a rock named Bob when I was a kid. Oh, my God. Yeah, when I was like eight, I had a pet rock named Bob. Oh, my God. But no one else ever had like an imaginary little pet when they were little kids? I didn't have a rock. Not a rock. What do you have? He wants a rock. See? Hi, Lee. Yep, there's Lee. Nope, I didn't have a toy rock, Mike. I had animals. I had, I had, <laughs> I had stuffed animals. Yeah. No, I had actual animals that pooped. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was a little kid and we couldn't get one. I had dolls that peed. Really? How does a doll, like, fake pee? Because you put water in a bottle and you put the bottle in its mouth and there's a tube from its mouth to its butt and it pees. What's the attraction of that? Because it's like a real baby. <laughs> okay. Oh, a Betsy Wetsy? I don't know what it yes. was called. I just know. Yes. I had a Betsy Wetsy and I was it not just went right through it. Really? Yeah, because yeah, I wouldn't put the diaper on. <laughs> <laughs> I remember he came with these, like, gelatin... Oh, honey... What is the matter? See, Jen, that's thing. That 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 one really pees. Yeah, <laughs> I have been sprayed many a time already. Yeah, I know. You need to put the diaper over them. I know. Well, he peed on my window curtains the other yesterday, and I was like, those were so expensive. I was so mad. We can't even clean them. We have to get them dry cleaned. Ugh. I was like stuck. <laughs> How did that even happen? Um, I, I have no idea. It goes far. That's all I can say. <laughs> if you you take them to the dry cleaners, they're like never going to believe. They're going to think that like you guys. Had like a drunk party and like people peed on your curtains. What is that? Oh, he's so cute. Yeah, especially right now. Come here. I actually had Mpreg at work today. Oh, oh, there's an Mpreg incident in these chapters, actually. I'm so glad you brought that up. So we have a, a hospital or a doctor's office set up in the dramatic play at school. Mm-hmm. And the little girl, she put on her little blue gloves and mm-hmm. she looked at the one little boy and she said, you're going to be the baby coming out of his tummy. Go with it, okay? <laughs> and then she walked over to the other boy and she knocked him flat and she dove into like his stomach area with these gloves on. And she's like, now you're having the baby. Hang on. And then she's like grabbing the other one and like, come here. You're the baby. Maybe coming out. I'm like, oh dear, I don't want to know anymore. Jen couldn't be here this evening. Now, usually in the past, Jen couldn't be here because a car was pinning her against the south wall or she was in the hospital because, you know, unfortunately she ate something that caused her skin to turn blue or whatever. I don't know. Jen's always had stuff up and we announced last week Jen's back. And uh, this week, Jen was supposed to be here. Unfortunately, she can't be because Lee has diaper rash. And I say this because years from now, Lee will listen to these podcasts and blush. <laughs> so we dedicate this episode to Jen's sunspot. But I would also like to dedicate this episode to our host, Mike. Now, Mike, you know, he, he he's a fun guy. Mike is a very fun guy. And sometimes he gets a bad reputation. He's the guy that didn't get the 10 rules. He's the guy that was a little confused about Nate Gwidditch match. He's the guy guy who wants me to invest in Russian shipping. And I feel like Mike's true self doesn't come through in the podcast. So I would like to try and help us all out here um, and tell a story about my buddy Mike. Now, P.S. can back me up on this. Mike is a generous to a fault. Give you the shirt off his back, even if it were flannel. You know, he re- just really generous, very nice.
nice guy. But you always, like, expect there to be a twist on it, and there never is. And I'll give you an example of one I mean here. For example, the other day, Mike sent me a message over Skype. He's like, Ryan, a very important question for you. How many people are coming to your rehearsal dinner for your wedding? And I was, like, I'm picturing him trying to parachute in. I'm picturing him trying to offer people rides. I don't know what's going on. He just wants to know more about the history of the rehearsal dinner, which I think is just fabulous. He does that to me all the time, but it always sounds like he's about to do something crazy. Like, he'll ask, like, how long to, like, keep milk out of the refrigerator? Yeah, it's stuff like that. <laughs> so, just every once in a while, you know, you just get a random request from Mike. A couple weeks ago, I get a frantic message from Gen 2. She was <gasps> distressed. I'm like, Gen 2, how can I help you today? She's like, you have to help me. I'm like, what is it? Mike is trying to buy a used car. And there was, like, the dumb, dumb, dumb. I'm like, Mike doesn't know how to drive. She's like, I know! We must stop him! So we had to explain to Mike the whole thing about his car salesman being sharks, and then we had to explain to Mike how they're not actually sharks, and we had to go through the whole thing. So we eventually got Mike to not buy a used car, especially since in the previous podcast he explained if he ever tried to drive a car, he'd hit every single thing on the road. We got Mike off the used car. He'd be better ever, off driving a boat. He would be. Well, he, he's, he's more clear on the on the, on the on the parking of boat, especially if it's under enemy fire, and if James Lee's on board. So I get a message from him the other day. He would like to buy a TV. Now, the thing with Mike, when Mike wants to buy a TV, he kind of comes across in the conversation like Grandpa. Like, you know, when, back in my day, when I bought a TV, it was $7. And rabbit ears on it. You didn't have to plug it into the wall. And like, no, no, yeah. So I'm explaining to Mike, you know, why don't you go to Best Buy and why don't you just look around and see what they have. Now he's like, now how much is a TV now? So I sent him to BestBuy.com. He's like, oh my God, since when have TVs been $1,000? You know, he's like the guy who woke up in a coma. So that guy. I'm like, Mike, go talk to the guy at Best Buy. So he explains to me he is going to Best Buy to buy LSD. Brilliant! And all I can picture is he will actually go into Best Buy and he will walk up to a guy. Now, Mike is a very imposing young man and he will ask where the LSD is. (laughs) And Mike will get arrested. Oh, yeah. Because, of course, he's looking for a liquid crystal display. So he was very close. Well, he's like Captain Kirk in Star Trek IV. He did did a little too much LDS in college. So... At the time of this recording, we haven't heard from Mike. We don't know what happened. But if he is in jail, I have to tell you, Mike, the war on drugs has been a failure. And one day, you will see the light of day again. So, you know, You're you not going to go TV bail him out? <laughs> well, the problem with that is we had to use all our bail money on someone else. So we have none Uh-oh. left in petty cash. So yeah, we're not okay. bailing Mike out. So. But you'd probably know if he goes to jail because I'm sure he's your number one on his call list of people to, to call once he gets in jail, right? Uh, oh, I probably am. No, it'll be. He'll send me a text message so I won't be able to tell him no. So I'll have to go get him. Well, P.S. He'll, 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 send me, he'll send me a text message and it'll say, busy? That's what he always does. <laughs> well, you, then you're like, you're running out the door. You're like, no, I'm, I'm here for a minute. What's up? Can you please give me your thoughts on the Civil War? I'm like, oh, yeah, I gotta go, man. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta think. I gotta go. So that's the story this week. We hope Mike is not in jail. And if he is, we hope he is enjoying his LSD. So looking back in these chapters here, chapter 42, we have the fall of the ministry. And we have the um, Molly Weasley's plan put into uh, into practice to protect that was so the mo- fantastic. To put like, the muggle-born, yeah. I rarely see Molly come up with a good plan. I am so sick of Fix, where Molly Weasley doesn't get to come up with a good plan. I mean, she's in the order for a reason. I mean, she's the mother of a strategist, in fairness. We only ever see her do two things in the order. We see her guard the prophecy in, in passing. Like I mentioned, she's off guarding the prophecy. 
and we see her killing Bellatrix Lestrange. Up until then, she does dishes for five years. I love this. Yeah. She's the mother of a strategist. They, they don't yeah. know how to deal with her. They don't know how to deal with Arthur. They just have them as background characters. I mean, and quite frankly, you're exactly right with she's the mother of a strategist because he. I don't think he got it from Arthur because I don't think Arthur is that bright. <laughs> you know, no, it's honestly. <laughs> He's not. Well, he is hugging <laughs> a riding lawnmower at the end of the story. Ron got his, his like, strategic ability from Arthur. I think I really do think it was from his mother. Well, Arthur's a very shrewd guy. He doesn't wear a helmet. Let's be nice. <laughs> Uh, no, Arthur Weasley does not wear a helmet. As far as we know, Dean is a Muggle-born. I think the only the only canon that says otherwise is J.K. And just saying that there was a plot line that never actually happened, where his father was like a Death Eater or something. Or, well, we can trust her, can't we? I mean, she changes her mind all the time. I can't, but I'm, I'm just saying that, that that's that's like mate, that's like half canon. Like I love how J.K. Rowling says it. We're like, prove it. He wished he had kissed Hannah Abbott on Christmas or whatever. So I'm the only one that pictured like episode 58, the bosom of Hannah Abbott at that point, like, oh, poor Neville. <laughs> I hope you looked. Well, the one thing that gave me hope was that even in the afterlife, you still man-hug. I thought that was nice. <laughs> you still hug like uh, men do time to time. Yeah. They resolved the Elven Dork, how, what the bet was about Elven Dork, and that it's, if he ever becomes best friends with uh, Severus, that he has to name his first child Elven Dork. I thought that was awesome, that it, something so unfor- unlikely became, you know, came to pass. You know, I could picture it during that Elven Dork scene where you find out that Snape is actually best friends. <laughs> Serious. Was I was picturing Remus Lupin sitting in a bar somewhere having some of the hairs to the loser because I'm like I thought they were best friends they had a thing I don't know like the Marauder I don't know poor Remus been replaced by Severus Snape as the best love department but the moment I loved was Talisman where mm-hmm. he protects everyone he cares for with what we find out to be the same blood protection that, um, that Lily used yeah. the moment where Snape is right yeah, exactly yeah. where Snape um, hold on he does what in canon he, 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 the blood magic protection works the same way in canon he just doesn't do the room right no where, what specifically are you talking about though? the blood protection works in Here, canon, in, in canon when he dies, when Voldemort kills him, he gives the blood protection to everybody. That's why none of Voldemort's. Um, that's why he keeps si- oh, oh, I that. Yeah. In the crowd that's and he keeps wearing off. Right. Oh, you're right. Okay. And that's, oh, that's, that's awesome. I, I forgot that. that. You know what? I love DH now. I get it. Okay. <laughs> that makes it so much better. I, I just definitely remember that scene. P.S. is having, like, flashbacks to a former life tonight. Every two minutes, I remember something about the... God. Sorry, my cat just squeaked. I don't know if you guys heard that. She's trying to she'd get on the podcast. But, she um, objects to the margination. She, she does. She She's also a Slughorn fan, P.S. When uh, um, she, she was she was crying all during this because there was no Slughorn. Good and kitty. Good kitty. I, I know you're, you're going to hate me for saying this. There's no reason to bring in Slughorn on this. A lot of fan fictions do it, especially read news, because... Snape is evil, or they don't want. They just want to get rid of Snape, so they bring in Slughorn. Like, I love those. Uh, they make me so happy. Give like, me a list uh, of them. Is it more than just nightmares? I want them all. The problem is that some of the redo fix are pre uh, Half Blood Prince, so Slughorn doesn't exist. Oh well, there's no point of those. So. And welcome back to Potter Fifty. Yes. Mike. And I'm Aaron. And today we are entering day two of the great Puffwell blackout of 2009. When Don't you hear this episode in August or December of next year, you may not remember the great Puffwell blackout of 2009, but here we are. We are sitting in a cave. We have no electricity. It's just me, Mike, and Aaron because Ryan is out battling for Puffwa since we don't really have any distractions. We can do it because cool. <laughs> right. we don't have Ryan. Or Nobody to monologue. I like the fic a lot, oh, but gosh. I have some serious problems with. Uh, P.S. is rolling her eyes. I had this conversation with her, and my she eyes falling out. It seems like most of them so far. He figures out they're from the future, and then it ends in disaster, or at least as much of a disaster as it did to begin with, right? 
Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? Sorry. <laughs> so, so now... <laughs> Sorry, Mike. <laughs> um, I don't really know what you mean. Obstu Kofushier. What does yeah. that Michael say it again? <laughs> I didn't know. I already said Obsta Kofushi or yeah. <laughs> have you ever watched the Star Trek stuff? All those Star Trek, the things that are on TV, right? Have you ever seen them, Kronk? Are you a fan of them? <laughs> yeah, no, maybe. Um, Isn't now, he funny? Out of all the captains in all the Star Trek shows, which one do you think is the best captain, as in the best Kirk. leader of a starship? Who do you think, Picard or Kirk? Picard. Picard. See, Picard Ryan is the best Kirk. captain. Kirk is my favorite character. Ryan said he thought Kirk was a better captain than Picard was. Kirk is a terrible oh, captain. Kirk's an awful captain. As far as a captain, now we're getting into to fine, you know, uh, Star Trek canon here, which is totally, totally off topic. And I thank you for taking us there, Mike, because I think <laughs> it's important for us to go as off topic as possible tonight. P.S. thinks Kirk's horrible, and Karan thinks Kirk's pretty good. Well, I don't think he's horrible. I just think he's the least of these. And I'm going to display my dork colors. The moment Kirk becomes awesome is in Star Trek 2 when he does the thing with the uh, prefix code and uh, absolutely just pones Khan uh, in the face. That that was that was the, the moment when I began to love James T. Kirk. Okay. I have to say I, I understood like three words in that sense. But. I would think of Harry as the, the Kirk-esque yes. character. Harry is Kirk and Dumbledore's part. And Ginny is Janeway. <laughs> All right, your, your analogy has just broken down. Congratulations, Mike. <laughs> Alba Severus was going to be Janeway because... I was born in 88. How old do you think I am? I thought you were 21. I am. That would make you four years younger than me. My birthday's already... Oh, wait, I, I was 89. My birthday's happened already in 2009. I'm 21 years old. Should be, I, I was thinking 86, not 84. I was doing my Use math. your math, Mike. Seriously. My- <laughs> <laughs> I put my birthday on the wrong year. My bad. <laughs> Mike doesn't even know how old he is. I remember something Teenage new teenage Turtles, but I don't really remember what it was. I must have seen something because I named the trains, the train engines in our Christmas garden are named after the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Because I, I must have seen something, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, because that they're named, they're, the um, the trains are color-coded named after the turtles. Cartoon, like jingles, yeah. like gummy bears everywhere. everywhere. High adventure that's beyond they are the gummy bears. I have found really good Disney afternoon fanfic. <laughs> really? Oh yes, it's really good. Oof, so good. So good. If yes, you got to make me copies of uh, DuckTales. Not DuckTales going to do it. So not Why not? It's so stealing, Michael. <laughs> How dare you? Should have. We don't have Rena on the podcast. We just, we just stopped talking. What, the, what is going on in those pictures? He's like killing a bird. He's like chasing this small bird. <laughs> if you were going to switch Ryan's brain into another Puffwa member's body. Who would you put his brain into? Does the other Puffwa member's brain come into Ryan's body? Yeah, like they switch, we switch, we body switch them. And chaos ensues. Who would we pick? Who would we switch? Jen. Ryan and Jen? Chi. Ryan and Lady Chi? <laughs> That'd be funny. Like, Ryan is Lady... Imagine Ryan going around in Lady Chi's everyday life and Lady Chi going around in Ryan's everyday life. I can, I can only think of the havoc that Chi would, would purposely rot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, destroy Ryan's life. Jen rolled over her foot with her chair and she's telling me she's bleeding internally. Oh my God, she's going to the hospital. She Jen, I thought you stubbed your toe. No, I'm dying. I'm uh-huh. eating my chicken enchilada. I sat in my rolly chair to my computer, and for somehow, the side of my right foot got caught under the wheel. And it, like, pinched it. I guess pinched it. Whatever. And it's, like, bleeding under my skin, and, like, my foot swollen. It's, like, swollen like a little golf ball on the side of my foot now. I think I broke a vein. You can't break you need to put. You need to put ice on it. I know. I don't have. <laughs> do you have, like, frozen peas or anything? Do you have anything in your freezer? I have what do you, pizza. Do you have frozen <laughs> pizza? <laughs> or, right, Jen, get the frozen pizza. I called my mom, and I was like, because my mom lives five houses down, and I called her, and I was like, Mom! 
help. And she was like, well, I'll come over as soon as Ugly Betty's over. And I'm like, Mom, I'm dying. <laughs> well, Jen, when you say you rolled over your foot, you sound like you stubbed your toe. You're like, no, I didn't stub my toe. Mom, bring I, party ice and vodka. So she said she was going to bring an ice hack, but I have to wait till Ugly Betty's <laughs> Jen, I think I, you should call 911. It can be like the woman in the McNuggets. Come on. Like, call James. Well, thank God for Facebook, I am, because who knows where my phone was. And so I, I am James, and I'm like, James, I'm dying. And he's like, what's wrong? Because he knows me, so he really knows to freak out when I say that. And... And, you know, and I he, I was like, where's the phone? And he was like, it's on my side of the bed. I'm like, what is it? Never mind. So I ran and got it and, like, hobbled over there. And I dialed him, and, and he was like, well, is your, is your foot turning black? And I was like, no, because I'm white. And he said, no, is it, like, turning, like, greenish black? And I said, no, it's, like, red. Like, I can see it bleeding inside of my skin. It's, like, purple red. And he was like, well, if it turns black, call me again. Bye. <laughs> He's only going to be concerned once you have What dangerous. time's Ugly Betty over? What time's Ugly Betty over? Eight. Like, horrible people. They don't even care anymore. Well, I, well, um, you, you have to admit, Jen, it sounds a little ridiculous. I rolled over my foot. I'm bleeding I know. Would it be any other way, though? I swear. Jen, we've been through too much together. You're not going to die because you rolled over your foot with a swivel chair. Yeah, that's what you think. It's like shitting up my leg and my head hurts now. You're internally like, bleeding from rolling over yeah, yourself you know, like, desk. When you, oh, and you know what? I was opening a freaking thing of Similac this morning, the formula thing, and I cut my finger on the foil. You know, to, you have to, like, open a lid and then you have to pull back the, like, freaking thick foil, whatever. Yeah, I've done that. Um, I, can't, Jen, we... I couldn't believe I did that. So now I'm bleeding. Ugh. Does Poofo need to put you into assisted living? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's not too far off anymore. I was wondering what the podcast has lost from you taking so much time off. I think this is it. I believe what she has is called a hematoma. Are we, are we wicking it? What does that mean? Um, no, I just, I just know that from experience, I think. Let's well, frankly, Jen, does it look at all like this? Well, now it's got a pizza on it, and I just dropped my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Jen, does it look like this? Ew. How can you not have any ice? Wait, do I want to we, open this? We drink I, I don't want to open this. We don't actually use ice. I don't drink ice normally. You can't drink ice. That would be pain. Well, get something yeah. cold out of your fridge, like a bottle of ketchup or something. Well, I went and got the pizza, dude. And I'm not sure that that's the best conveyance for... Because I don't have... We have to, we have to go to Sam's this weekend. We're, we're living on ramen and burritos that my mom brings over. Well, look at the bright side, Jen. But Ugly Betty is over and not... Nine minutes. Good, because my foot hurt, man. Does your foot look like the picture I just sent you? Crap, Ryan. I don't know. It's covered in pizza right now. It's got pepperonis on it and stuff. <laughs> you had to send us a picture of somebody's ass. <laughs> Sorry about that. You're sending a picture of an ass? <laughs> is that really an ass? This is ass. This is leg. Oh, what is this picture? Ass. I'm not opening it. Yeah, this is, no, yeah, it's I his, didn't open it. I actually it's his it. upper thigh. Yes, that's how my foot looks. Uh-oh. Except Go to the doctor. Except he is hairy. No, you don't, you just need to you need to elevate your foot and you need it's, to ice on it. Oh, it could be worse. You elevate, have to elevate your ass. The pizza's not balancing very well. <laughs> 
Oh. All right, Jen, we need to keep your mind occupied, all right? I'm going to ask you a question, and I need you to think carefully and answer it. And by the time you answer it, Ugly Betty will be over, all right? Agreed. All right, here's the question I have for you, okay? Three guys decide to rent a hotel room so they can play poker away from their wives, okay? Uh-huh. They go to the desk at the hotel, and the manager says that the room will be $30. They decide to each pay with a $10 bill, okay? okay. How much has each man paid? for the room. $10 each? Right, $10. So they go to the room and they're playing poker. Now the manager is looking over the receipts and he realizes, holy crap, the room is only a $25 room. I've overcharged these poor men. So he calls over the busboy, Jimmy, and says, Jimmy, gives Jimmy five $1 bills, bring these up to room 317 and explain that I accidentally overcharged the men. So Jimmy is walking up to the room. Now, because of the Bush era, Jimmy is grossly underpaid. The minimum wage has not risen with inflation, and Jimmy is short on cash. So he thinks to himself, how are three men going to split $5? I know what I'll do. So he takes $2 from the five and sticks it in his pocket. He knocks on the door. He says, excuse me, you've been overcharged $3. We're very sorry. Here's your money. So each man takes a dollar bill back, and they resume playing poker. How much has each man paid for the room now? $11. All right, Jen, work with me. Nine. Each man has paid paid $9. How much have the three men paid combined? $27. How much has Jimmy the busboy kept? Two. What is 27 plus two? (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) What did I do wrong here? My question for you, Jen, is if... I can't do math. My foot hurts. Where, into anyone on the line. They paid 27 bucks for the room. Jimmy kept two. They originally paid 30 Where's the other dollar? The dog ate it. <laughs> no. Really? I don't know. Did I do it wrong? Well, do it in your head. What did you do wrong? I did it wrong. I did it wrong. Well, where did you make your mistake? I have no idea. He gave them each a dollar back, $3. So if they paid 10 then they each paid 9 which was 27 because 3 times 9 is 27 right? right. Yeah. Yes, it is. Because yep. I'm doing the finger math here. Yeah, and (laughs) I don't know. I feel like a really dumb idiot right now with a hurt foot. Gen 2, where's the missing dollar? President Bush. (laughs) Yeah, the inflation. (laughs) P.S., do you know where the missing dollar is? Has P.S. been here for the last hour? She doesn't want to answer. Here, I'm going to type this out. I want to give, did I never give you, Ryan? Oh, God, P.S. is drawing this out right now with Monopoly. Oh, well, I'm glad it's not just me being stupid here. I I am not stupid. I'm trying to do it. mean that y'all were stupid. No. <laughs> I haven't taken math since my junior year of high school. Me neither. Did you find, oh, did you you find the missing dollar? That's not true. I took math for liberal arts in college, and it was like how to balance your checkbook. And- <laughs> well, I took real math, not this shit. <laughs> P.S. Jen, P.S. is much angrier since you last podcast. I'm sorry, why? I don't know. She's been dealing with us for the last 20 episodes. Did you run uh, over your foot with a roller chair? Jen, you've got four minutes till Ugly Betty's over. Now, I know. Didn't they pay $9.33 for the room? Because they paid 30 and they are, yep. they only got, the guy kept two. So that was $28 that he refunded to them, not $27 that he Yep, the guy kept the guy kept two, so he right. did. So that was twenty eight that they paid for the room. Now you got to split twenty eight three ways. But so that's they each, $9. They each got a dollar bill back. 
they each got a dollar bill back, so right. each man actually paid nine. Well, each man actually paid nine thirty-three for the room because, um, well, they got a dollar back. The thirty-three cents is no, but it's, 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 how much did he lose? Like, what is his out-of-pocket expense? It doesn't. The question isn't asking like how much went to the room. The answer to the question is that math doesn't work in this problem. Lego's right, work. and Ma- Ryan's right because math doesn't Lego work. Is yeah. right. If you get, if you took Monopoly money and did the problem, it, you would have thirty dollars. But when you multiply nine times three to get twenty-seven and add in the other two, it doesn't work. So well, you asked lot. what did they pay for the room. There's, there's still no, all out for room asked, $9. Well, he asked me what was the expense. What did each man pay for the room? Each man paid $9. And 33 cents. No, each man paid $9. Each man took out a $10 bill, gave it to the guy. There's still out that 33 back. cents, whether whether yeah. they got it back. or I mean, It doesn't matter if it went to the room or to the, the bellboy. It's what their out-of-pocket expense is. It still is. doesn't have it anymore. Yeah, each man spent $9 out of the money in their wallet. So, so I did it wrong. Right. Mike was trying to make me think I did it wrong. I no, think no. you got it right five times, B.S. No, the, you can't do it by math. Yeah, math is stupid. <laughs> so, not math is fun because Je- math is always the same. Oh, vomit. Ugh. It didn't I work well that. in this problem. I have one for you now, man. <laughs> math is always the same. Where's the dollar? What's your question? Okay, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> Hold on. We're doing the most complicated time travel story ever, but we're getting confused over where's the missing dollar from the there poker game. missing dollar. I think the person who told you the story told you wrong, Ryan. They, can't, they Jen, left out the 33 it, Jen, it makes perfect sense. They Each left man out the 33 cents. No, there's no change involved. Each man takes $10 out of their wallet and gives it to the guy. Each man gets a dollar bill back. Not a diagram, Jen. See, here's what I did. I threw a diagram, right? <laughs> like, I made up, like, a little story. I'm right? making a flow chart here. <laughs> I made up. No, 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 seriously. <laughs> I'm making a pizza chart. <laughs> so not only is Ryan trying to cause war with another podcast, he's causing war among the podcasts. I'm not firing at them. They're firing at us. <laughs> My foot hurts. <laughs> All right, you've got 10 bags of coins, right? Mm-hmm. Each bag, there are 10 coins. Each coin <laughs> weighs 10... Jen knows this one. And each coin no, weighs 10 grand. I'm imagining Dwight from the office, and I'm like, it's not real coins, it's pirate coins. It's just ridiculous. Ten bags of coins. Ten coins in a bag. Each coin weighs 10 grams, except in one bag, all the coins weigh 9 grams. You have a scale. Oh, hang on. I need a notebook. Do we even use grams in our weighing stem in America? Well, this question is actually, the actual question is shekels, and it's the highest difficulty officer's question for the Israeli military. Um, it's not coins, it's drugs. <laughs> shekels right. are coins. Uh, All right, so yeah. 10 bags, 10 coins in the bag. Each coin weighs 10 grams, except in bag number 10, where they all weigh 9. Right. Okay. You get one measurement on a scale. That means one measurement only, one number coming up. How do you figure out which bag is the counterfeit bag, and you can't tell by feel? Hold on. I, I, I understood the setup. I just don't understand the question. Say the question. How do you figure out which bag? is the counterfeit bag. No, the, the line before that. You can't, you can't tell just by touching it which one's lighter, and you can only get one measurement on a scale, and you have to figure out which bag is the counterfeit bag. What do you mean by you can only get one measurement on a scale? Like, only one number can, can appear on the scale. You, you can't, like, weigh it and then weigh it again, and another number comes out. Can you weigh each bag, or just one bag? One, if, you, if, you, every, if one number comes up on the scale, that's your one measurement. So if you weigh one bag, that's it. You can't weigh a second bag later. Okay, so how do you know which bag is the bag other than by weighing it? You can weigh it. You can only weigh it 
once, what I'm saying. You can only be, each bag once or one bag once? Once time period. Once period, that's it. Okay. Well, how much is supposed to be in each bag? Every bag is 10 coins. Every coin weighs Each one is 10 grams except one. Yeah, but what's the grand total per 10? Like, there's no way that you could measure it and know which bag has nine grams if you don't know what the total of the 10 is supposed to be. Unlike Ryan's, this one does have a solution. I will give you The only one I'm going to say is, is the counterfeit bag smaller than the other bag? No, they're all the bags the same size. All right, then I got one is obviously poofier. They're all the same poofiness. Whatever. They look identical. I just want to know where the missing buck is. I've asked this question to a thousand people, roughly, and only two have ever gotten the answer. It's the poofier, isn't it? I was right. Did you have an answer? I actually wasn't listening to the question, and I really didn't want to go through it. Mike, didn't I get it right? Mike, what's the answer to the question? You want me to give it away? Wait, I want Lego of all people isn't going to have a guess. This is Lego. Uniformly. Answer. I didn't listen to the question. I was in the. All right, Lego. Lego, my Lego. I'm still not understanding the function of this scale. Brian, have you got it? No. Got it. Brian. No, I'm not sure what he's going for, but I'm not sure I can picture what the the scale of measure is here. How you right, Mike, what's the answer? I'm assuming Gen has no answer. Just tell us the answer, Mike. No, no, no. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Okay. Um, okay. What? I, I I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. How could you not get it? And I got it. I'm I told awful you the answer questions. before. That's why I got it. Yes. Yeah. Right, you what's didn't the answer, tell Mike? me the answer. I got it last time. I'm getting four one? hours of sleep a night. Right. What's the answer to the question? <laughs> you you can take one coin from the first bag, two. From the second, three from the third, and so on down. And you calculate what it should be if they all weigh 10 grams. And then you put it on the scale and you get the one measurement from the scale. And if that number is six short of what it should be, you know it came from the bag you took six coins from. If it's five short, you know it's in the bag you took five sh- coins from, and so on. Ah, yes. That's deep. Very deep. That's but very not deep. very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know where the missing dollar is. All right. P.S. is very angry. I'm not angry. I'm right. I got it right. I got P.S. is very angry. You, you are always angry. always full of rage. Sorry, guys. Gotta go. My mom is making me elevate on the couch. Talk to you later. Well, the, the Did I news, or did I not tell her to you, elevate you, for You food. did. Jen, too, did tell her to elevate. And the only thing I can add is that, thank God, she didn't roll over her ass. Because how do you elevate your ass and not look like an idiot? I beseech you, my fellow Pufuanians. <laughs> I was like, Ryan, you can't leave me here by myself. All by myself anymore. is going to be a crazy day for me. What are you doing tomorrow, Mark? Closing the whole building down. Got several oh hundred my. people. Are there cockroaches in it? No, it's uh, end of the semester. <laughs> oh, it's the end of the semester. I'm okay, sure all the cockroaches will come out now that the kids are gone. <laughs> I could if I wanted to live here in the empty building, but I stayed in this apartment over the summer and the cockroaches came out. That's what happened. Move now is sometimes known as Deadwood Pecker, except that that sounds dirty to every single host on Potterfit Weekly, so we're just going to call her Ella. There is this live journal community that had all of this mutt I could ever want. They only accepted people who were 18 years old or older, so I stole my niece's live journal account and her name was Deadpool Woodpecker and then I just liked it so I kept it. So you're writing via an assumed name that you stole so that you could read filthy stories on the internet. That's excellent. (laughs) As an author, as a fan fiction author, like, because I know lately I've got this reviewer who, if I take a bit too long to update the fic, she like bombards me with reviews asking for the next chapter. Do you ever feel like there are people out there who forget that you're a real person with a real life and they just want you to write fic and like oh, yes. ask for it all the time? Oh, yes. But I do the same thing too, as I'm sure Kenza especially has noticed. <laughs> <laughs> you're a demanding little wench, aren't you? <laughs> When Al goes back for the first time, yeah. he 
Hold on a second. Close <laughs> <laughs> the dog at the door. Police, open Plant up. Shark. <laughs> Andy Graham. All the things that they think it could be. Room, sir. <laughs> Sorry. I don't need any towels. <laughs> you know, here we had a story earlier that Harry was bagel, and now we have Ron has a bagel. <laughs> a bagel? Oh, bagel. Right. You know what a bagel is? Come yeah, on, I don't right. know why Ron's a bagel. Like, like a, because he's 30 and Hermione's 11 and he wants her. Yes. Do What's I have to bagels? put any more fruit than that? <laughs> I don't know if I get to connect. I get what you're saying, right, oh. that Ron likes the 30 year old Ron likes the 10 year old girl, but right. what should I do bagels? Do you even listen to the podcast? <laughs> Yes, I was on this podcast. I don't know why we're talking. You're a host, and you don't know why he's a bagel. I was on this podcast, too, and I don't know what to do. Oh, Mike, what are we going to do with you? We covered this little fic by Viridian called Nightmares of Futures Past. In the witch, Harry goes back in time and lusts after little tiny Ginny. Do you remember now? I I remember now. I remember. Yeah. Bagel is the word we use so that we can avoid repeating the word pedophile. Right. (laughs) Over and over and over again. (laughs) You know, but what I find interesting is that, you know, you guys are, you know, anti-bagel, obviously. But also, you know, Harry and Ginny are are both bagels, I guess. And we'll see you all next season in the future. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.